Test, 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 JD. Test, 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 Connor. Uh, JD, 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 JD. Connor, 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 Connor. JD. Connor. JD. Connor. I think these are good levels. I trust you. I think I trust myself here. Uh, they just seem... Oh, <laughs> this happens every time. You don't like the levels. I feel like people, as long as people can hear us, like, isn't that enough? Isn't that all that really matters? Yes, but it, they can only hear us if the levels are correct. Oh, that's true. I mean, I understand you want to have the best levels possible, but as long as it's clear. Right. I think the thing that I think about is... That's you. Yeah. Um... The thing that I think about is because it's 12 hours, if the audio quality is not good... Yeah, like it if, it's, be... if it's a C-plus audio quality, that's going to start to feel like a D-minus about hour four. Right? Yeah, right. Wow. Um, okay, let's, let, let's start this, and then I can uh, respond to the couple of these emails, and then we can get going. Okay. Uh, Was all of that part of the podcast what just happened? Yeah, I guess it is. I mean, because that's effectively becoming sort of like the equivalent of a theme song. What? Just having the test, test, test at the beginning. Oh, yeah. Did, did you see someone made like a test, test, test JD t-shirt? Test, test, test Connor? I did see that. Or It was like t-shirt or something. fan art or something. I love that. Yeah. I'm glad people don't find that annoying. I, do, do you think it's... Because we live in an age where there's so much... Supplemental material for everything available. Do you think that that's the, the people like looking, getting like a glimpse behind the curtain? Uh, I think they would. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I don't know if it's a glimpse behind the curtain. But I just think it's that we're not, <laughs> we're not like leaving any of the. Yeah, we're trimmings. not fancy. We're not, we're not putting on airs. No, not at all. Um, Wait, what? You got to be kidding me. What? Uh, nothing. The battery says it's already lost a single bar. Um. Technical difficulties, please stand by while we figure out what's going on. We apologize for the inconvenience. Hey, 12 Heads, JD here. Uh, I have to jump in for a second. I'm so glad that you guys are listening. Uh, I think this is actually a really fun episode. Um, but we had two sort of sections where we had to throw in some private time and take some stuff out. Um, and it's actually hilarious why we had to, I think around five hours in, you'll understand why it's hilarious. Uh, but we had a lot of technical difficulties and there are some actual, uh, content things that we had to adhere to, which is why it took longer to get this out than we anticipated. Um, one of the reasons has to do with our our guest uh, about five hours into the podcast, which uh, I think you'll 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 hear his uh, neuroses regarding his section of the podcast. And actually, he ended up contacting us afterwards and uh, saying he needed something taken out that was not the thing that he was nervous about. But you can just tell that he was uh, <laughs> nervous about certain aspects of things but he's a great guy but feel free to f tweet at that person uh maybe uh hashtag keep quiet no no it's a great person you'll understand all of that 
in a couple hours. Um, and it's also actually funny um, for the reasons that this person needed um, content removed is actually a similar reason as to why uh, one of the sections was removed, which was I, if you remember in episode one, I had uh, that phone call where uh, I, uh, you could hear everything on the other end. Well, I tried to combat that this time by moving away from uh, the microphones, but you could still hear me, and it was a somewhat uh, sensitive phone call from a uh, professional standpoint, so you could still hear me in the background, so I just had to get rid of it. Um, but instead of that, we've got some private time, um, which I hope you guys will enjoy, and um, we also had some technical difficulties. Man, is it hard to get the technical stuff of this podcast to work? Because it's 12 hours, and like, not only does like equipment and stuff break and batteries run out over 12 hours, but also like Connor and I get sort of uh, distracted and sort of forget about the technology side of things. So I apologize, but I think it's a fun podcast. I just wanted to give you a heads up before it all happened that, you know, there are some technical tweaks and things like that here and there, and I apologize for that, but I just wanted to uh, give you the heads up. Um, anywho, jump back into it. I apologize for the break, but you'll be hearing from me in a little bit and then Connor later on for some private time. Anyways, 12 Heads, you guys are the best, and uh, I'll see you guys in my private time, and we're back in. Technical difficulties, please stand by. We apologize for the inconvenience. Is that what the intended intent was? <laughs> yeah, uh, that was just me. I'm I'm lying on J. We're in JD's apartment right now. Yeah, let's like set let's set the stage. Set a the bit, scene. Uh, we're in JD's apartment. I'm lying down on his futon. As Connors often want to do in any situation where he can. Yeah, and. Uh, I'm using JD's Wi-Fi, which earlier JD made me, he, he tried to humiliate me. I didn't try to humiliate you. He tried to test me. Uh, I asked for the password for his Wi-Fi, and then he, he wanted me to ask, answer a trivia question, basically, to earn it. Yes. Uh, Actually, you know what? Let's address this next. I was going to say, I'm not going to say the question or else people will know the password to my Wi-Fi. Yeah, but then they have to find where you live and then come nearby and, you know, like... Right. But I was going to say, that would be ridiculous... Save for the fact that someone did take control of our Twitter account based on the very, very, very few clues that we've let out. Yeah. What's funny, though, is I think the Achilles heel was the thing that you said. that You remember in the episode, I was like, Connor, we started laughing. So I was like, we already we said the name of the thing that you're now referencing. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's in there. Yeah. And someone re-listened a couple times and just happened to pick it up. Yeah. And they've taken over our Twitter account. And we've not changed the password. No, we're going to. I think you should do it. But we're going to give the new password to the person who. Yeah. So wait. Explain in. what the rule, what, what our rule is. If you hack into our accounts, we do need to change them because we we know there's this. We don't want to have these same security vulnerabilities in the future. The nightmare would be that someone. Will, fortunately, the person who hacked into our account is benevolent, is a fan of the show. The nightmare would be. You know, let's say a few episodes from now, Wired Magazine does a profile on 12-hour day, for example. You're obsessed with that. Yeah. You know, I actually looked uh, to see if there was a Wired office in New York to see yeah. if we could go there today uh-huh. and just, like, knock on the door and be like, hey, I knew it, I wasn't going to tell you because I knew it would make you uncomfortable, but I was just going to be Is like, oh, we have to go. No, it's in San Francisco. Yeah. Well, they don't need one in New York. They're wired. You said that with weird disdain in your eyes. Yeah, well... 
Um, so anyway, the nightmare scenario would be that we get we get our uh, profile in in Wired magazine or maybe just on Wired.com, and we start attracting maybe a broader audience that might include some people who would do us harm or do us mischief with with harmful intent. The nightmare scenario would be that someone would have access to our account and then change the password, locking us out of our own Twitter account. Oh boy, yeah. And I don't want that to happen. I, I, I'm fiercely protective of the 12-hour with J.D. and Connor Twitter account. Um, yeah. You know what's funny about a Twitter account, though? What? Is that we both use it, but no one ever knows really yeah. which one of us it is. But I feel like because this is the podcast, they might know us well enough to know who it is based yeah. on what's tweeted out. There's references where like, we will say, this is Connor, this is J.D. Most of the time, yeah, we just use the... The, the unidentified uh, authorial voice uh, of 12-hour J.D. Connor. But, so we're, but we are going to grant, we're going to grandfather in our first hacker. Yes. We're going to give him access to the new password. And we do know who this hacker is now. Yeah, we know who he is. They've identified themselves. Or she is. And you already said he. Yeah, but I, I was, maybe that's offensive on my part that I was just using the generic masculine pronoun. Yeah. But if, it, if it's you know it's a person. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, the music you heard before was not some sort of post-production trick. That was a that was a source music live in the mix. Because I'm holding my iPad using JD's Wi-Fi, and I, I went on Spotify, um, and I, I just looked up public domain instrumental. And, the, they, and I... What I got on Spotify was royalty-free 1920s jazz volume 6. It's the first thing that came up. And the track that I was playing was, I'm sorry I made you cry. I'm sorry I made you cry. It was a lot more jubilant than I thought it would be. I was expecting something slightly mournful. Emotions were more jubilant back in the day. Yeah. Um, Even troubling ones. Yeah, but... um, we're uh, we're getting started a little bit later than than we had planned. Yes. Um, which means I'm going to get home super late tonight. Not JD. that late. We started. Well, let's remember because we usually forget. But we started at around twelve thirty, twelve forty. Yeah. Um. So we'll end at Queensboro again tonight. Yeah, as we often do. As we often do. Okay. Um. Right now, I need to write an invoice. All right. I'll tell a story while JD is writing the invoice. Um, I need something that happened. To, yeah, JD, you need money. I do. Uh, I. I feel like a time. There will be a time in the. I feel like you're in a position right now where I feel like uh, JD was telling me earlier that he, he was itemizing his monthly uh, his memberships that, that you know the things that he automatically pays you know for every month, the things he belongs to. And one of the things was the Netflix DVD. He still gets DVDs from Netflix. I also get we're, DVDs we're from Netflix. Are you talking about this? You're going to talk about how this bothers you? I, I just think it's an You're doing an invoice. It couldn't be more yeah, relevant. That's correct. JD has a, a, a red envelope with a DVD on it, and it's a documentary that he has had for six years from Netflix. <laughs> and so he's paid hundreds of dollars to rent this DVD... I think it'll be fun. Oh, you won't be able to see. I was going to say, the reveal of what the documentary is would be hilarious also. You've sealed it? You're going to send it back? Yeah. Let's do it today. 
You own that DVD, JD. No, but if I don't give it back after I've now canceled the DVD thing, yeah. they'll charge me $14 for this. At a certain point, it's not unethical to click the button on the website saying, I didn't receive it. You've paid for that I didn't DVD. I know there was that button. <laughs> You've paid for that DVD 20, 30 times over. I don't need this. Though. I don't need a loose DVD of this documentary. I know, but, oh my God, like... Listen, I'm not proud about this. I know, but... It, just, it was something where... You want to know what it's too? Is yeah. that the, the movies that were only DVD mm-hmm. available. Yeah. And they're always becoming streaming, so it was never like I needed to... Yeah. So it was just... I, just, I know. Well, and actually, I don't, I don't mind. You know, uh, I'm on the DVD, one DVD at a time thing, plus streaming on Netflix. But I actually... I will remain a subscriber of Netflix for as long as they remain a a corporation that wants my money. And the reason I will do that is because Netflix, the second Netflix brought back Arrested Development for a fourth season, my feeling was I'm happy to give them money every month for the rest of my life just for doing that. Right. Like I am a supporter of them. The same way that like, you know, uh, I don't... God, I'm always nervous I'm repeating things I said before, but do you know the story of Coca-Cola in World War II? Uh, I do not. Uh, I read a book about the history of Coca-Cola and the Coca-Cola company at one point, and uh, one of the things that was fascinating, and it really stemmed back from uh, Coca-Cola during World War II, they were really smart about uh, making Coca-Cola a thing that American troops identified with home. So like Coca-Cola would be really would really make a big effort to get, you know, Coca-Cola out to the boys in the field. Right. You know? And it became one of those things where they like they were just smart about making uh making Coca-Cola a thing that for soldiers who were away at war coming home meant like, oh yeah, Coca-Cola, that's going back home to America. And they didn't just do that in World War II. They did it pretty much from that point on. And that's one of the reasons why in the 80s when Coca-Cola, which had always actually fared worse in blind t- taste tests with Pepsi, because Pepsi's a little sweeter. Right. Um, Coke, was always, Coke is always more popular. But Pepsi did a thing in the 80s called the Pepsi Challenge where they would do blind taste tests. And it always won. It always won. Because it is, it's a sweeter drink. But if people knew it was Coke versus Pepsi, people wanted Coke. And a lot of that was just because people had identified with Coke. Coke is it. Right. And, when, and so there was a point where Coca-Cola was like, let's have new Coke. And they came up with a formula that started beating Pepsi in taste tests. So they thought they had a real winner because they had a right. tried and tested formula for this new Coke that people liked better than Pepsi. And if they'd quietly changed the formula... Nothing would have happened, but they made a big deal out of saying, here's the new Coke. Right. And a lot of the backlash against new Coke came from veterans, especially like World War II era veterans who were like, I didn't, I didn't watch my buddies die so that you could change Coke. Interesting. It, like, and it was, a ba- it like, it was like, up in their face. Yeah, it, it was really like, you're changing what, a, it was like changing the American flag to those guys. They were like, Coca-Cola was part of what we were over there fighting for. 
it was like a symbol of what we were fighting for, basically, to a lot of guys. And Coca-Cola was completely caught off guard by this. They did not expect... They thought everyone was just going to be, like, excited about the new, improved flavor. And, uh, yeah, so I I think of that because I feel like a similar thing, whereas I could imagine maybe 10 years from now, Netflix isn't as big a thing. Maybe they they hit a point where... Uh, something, some other new thing takes over and Netflix kind of fa- is starting to fade. I will, I'll be like one of those people who's on like AOL now still. You know, like AOL right. still exists, but it's a, a dwindling force. And, but I'll be a Netflix guy forever just because they brought back, they did the impossible. They brought back my favorite TV show and they brought it back in a way that, that was, allowed it to be actually more interesting and more ambitious than it had any right to be. Right. Like, I know a lot, there are a lot of people out there, and I know some, like comedy people and comedy nerds and stuff who didn't like season four of Arrested Development. And that's fair. If you don't like something, you don't like it. I would never, like, you can't convince people of that. There's things I don't like that you can't convince me of. But to me, if they had just come back with another solid season that was as great as the first three, but it was the same kind of thing, that would have actually been less satisfying than what they did, which was they came back and they're like, we're going to create this thing, which is like a novel. It's this giant, sweeping, ambitious thing that's different because times have changed, the circumstances have changed. Right. And in a way, it was like, well, we're dealing with some circumstances where we can't get all the cast back at once. So how can we make that interesting? I just hope they're able to complete it because it is... It is the first act of what would be completed by the movie. It's the first act of the story. So a lot of people are like, well... I mean, one big complaint about Arrested Development Season 3 that infuriates me is they're like, well, it, it sucks because I watched the show for all the big ensemble scenes where the whole family is together. Which, if you actually watch the first three seasons of the show, happens very rarely, almost never. Almost every episode of the original series could have been made with the actors apart because every episode takes the main like nine cast members and spreads them out over multiple different plot lines. It's very rare that there's a scene of the whole family in one room interacting. They almost never did it. And yet, I don't, I don't disagree. I, I'm not contesting that the people who didn't like season four are disingenuous. That they, I believe they didn't like it. But their reason for not liking it was not that they only liked the show for big ensemble scenes. They, they didn't like it for other reasons. But that was like a weird label that they put on it just because they knew the show wasn't able to have the actors all together at once for more than a few days. Yeah. Yeah. I could, I could talk about this for the next 12 hours. I know, which is funny because I'm using this as an excuse. I know. Right, right now I'm doing a bunch of work stuff, so you can hear my typing. This is almost like private time with Right, Connor. this is private time with Connor that JD's listening to. Yeah. Like right now, I was listening to the podcast with the listeners to a yeah. certain extent. Like I, I was using your talking, how mm-hmm. listeners probably use our podcast. I wasn't even entirely, I'm not even entirely sure. I, I don't doubt that you probably were listening because you're a pretty good multitasker. Better than I am. Right. But those yas could have easily been the yas of a parent with a young child who <laughs> is just trying to get their work done. Uh-huh. And the child is just uh-huh. talking and the child's like, uh-huh, yeah, that's good. Go see what dad's up to. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Yeah, but I will say this. If you liked the first three seasons of Arrested Development and then you started watching the fourth season and it, and it just didn't feel the same and it wasn't for you, I would say I hope at some point when you have the time, you give it a proper hearing because I know it's annoying to hear people say, like, you got to watch the full, you know, the full uh, season of the show to really appreciate it fully because it also doesn't tie everything up. It's meant to be continued in a movie or, some, or another series. Um, but I feel like there's people who watch, like, the first few episodes of it and then didn't get what they were wanting from it right away and gave up on it. And I will say that it is much more akin to reading a thick novel like Infinite Jest, where if you read the first 50 or 60 pages of Infinite Jest, you could easily come to the conclusion that this is going nowhere and stop reading. But for a lot of people, you probably like it if you... I didn't like Infinite Jest that much until I got several hundred pages into it. And it's... And I was mostly just... I was trusting a lot of my friends who had read it who said this is great and who'd read the book multiple times. If I'd just been reading it blind, I probably would have been like, I can't finish this book, it's too big. And I'm not liking it yet. It is interesting how... I mean, there's so, it's so hard. There's so much um, media, there's so much culture to consume now that it is hard to devote a lot of time to certain things that look like they're going to be a big time investment. I can totally understand people saying, well, like people who don't want to listen to a 12 hour podcast, for example, like it's really easy to see like, yeah, okay, I get it. You don't want to listen to this thing for 12 hours. You want to get to stuff that's short and, uh, gets to its point right away. But I bet you anyone out there who's listening to it, who, who presumably, I don't know how many people this will be their first episode of 12 Hour Day who start with episode four, but I would bet a fair number of people who are listening to this have listened to previous episodes. So I'm preaching to the choir when I say you got to be patient and let things uh, take a chance on some things that take a little bit more of an investment of time. Yes. Um... It's worth it. Usually, it's like almost any movie that's three hours long that's released by a studio is worth it. Because I agree because that means that they've they've weighed the consequences of it being very long. And yeah, like, because yep, it evens out. Like any time that there used to be a movie in, that I'd see back when I was running like VHS tapes, and you'd see one that was in the rental store, and it'd be two tapes. It'd be like The Godfather or The Godfather Part Two, and I or Lawrence of Arabia or something. Right. I knew as a kid once I rented one, I'm like, oh right, the studios didn't want to release a three-hour movie, so that means this movie was so good that the studio was like, yeah, this has to be three hours long. Right. That's why most of those movies, like Reds, have you ever seen Reds, the Warren Beatty movie? No. You'd love it. It's a great movie. Elaine May did a lot of, of uncredited work on that screenplay. Right. It's fantastic. And, but it's another one of those things. It's like it was a two VHS tape movie. And I, I knew renting. I'm like, this would be great because this means that every executive of that studio was won over that this couldn't be cut down to 90 minutes and was good enough to release as a three-hour movie. Right. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you my story, though, uh, that, that I was going to say when you started doing invoices. And this will pass. This will allow JD some time to get his business taken care of. Sorry. During I, this... I can also explain that basically I have a couple of things I need to get done and I have a phone call at 4.30. Yeah. So I'm trying to get this stuff done before we head out. 
and also before this phone call happens. Yeah. But this is a call forward to four hours from now. Yeah. Yeah, about four and a half hours. No. It's three, one. Three and a half hours. Oh, yeah, you're right, three and a half hours. To, I will have to take a phone call. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the, one of the good things about this podcast is that JD's a very busy and uh, uh, on the verge of successful person. And so he's got a lot happening today. He's got business meetings. He's got invoices to deal with. He's got career things happening. I, on the other hand, am more concerned with the fact that I need to get to sleep when this is done. Yeah. Like, that's the next thing I have going on, is going to sleep. I don't have any business dealings today. I don't have any show business meetings or, or conference calls that I have to be on with movers and shakers. I'm just here for you, the listener. I've got stories to tell. I've got opinions about things. I've got questions that have no answers. Uh, we're going to be hashtagging it out a little bit for those of you who are on Twitter. Maybe you've already experienced the hashtag experience uh, that happened live while we were recording this. Um, but while JD's typing his, uh, his business emails and working on his invoices, I'm going to tell you a little something. Are you done? I just finished. All right. Well, I'm going to tell you this story anyway because okay. it's the thing that happened to me over the weekend, which is that um, I uh, got onto a train, uh, an E-train, for those of you who are familiar with the New York subway system. That blew my mind for a second. Why? I thought that there was something called an E-train, which was like an ele- electronic <laughs> train. And I was like, what is an E-train? I got onto an E-train. It's like an E-cigarette. Uh, it has on it, it's healthier uh, way of traveling. An E-train is like all white rounded corners. It goes through some it's sort of sleek. tube. Yeah. And like it makes some like... Yeah. Basically, once they like right now, people know how to compress information. Once they know how to compress matter, yeah, and then re- uncompress it, the E train will take off. Yeah, it'll be like a like a uh, teleporter, but it'll go through a, a a cable system so it's secure. They don't want right. it to be. They don't want it to go through the wireless. Right. Because like, oh god, my E train's late. Yeah. I've been waiting here for like twenty seconds. You get on a physical train, and then the train itself the matter compresses down to a right. very small thing that goes through a cable. Right. It's basically what it is. It's like the, the create some sort of something where it will be able to take coordinates of all the particles inside of it, right? Yeah. So then it can compress and uncompress them. Yeah. So you still have to get onto a train. Yeah. You're still it, physically there. Yeah. And you physically move. Yeah. And I would imagine... The, and I would imagine it's horrifically painful when you arrive at your destination. And, and like As you, one in every million people are like horribly mangled. Or yeah, like don't get on it if you're old or if you have a back Down condition. Syndrome. Yeah, if you have Down syndrome, you cannot ride the E-train. That's train. not what I was saying. <laughs> I was saying they come out with like Down syndrome. But it's much more vile that it's like if you have a chromosome disorder... Do not ride the E-train. Don't train. ride the E-train. It, it, it doesn't, we cannot process those yet. Yeah. <laughs> That's the one. We, know how to, we know how to shrink a train down and with people on it and have it go back. But if you have Down well, it's syndrome... Only, it's only if your chromosomes are all in the right place. So yeah. if any of your chromosomes are misappropriated. I mean, you can imagine the designers of the E-train, like, just... If your 21st chromosome... Oh, you just have... Like, we feel terrible about this because we work so hard and we just, yeah. like... Uh, it, that that people with Down syndrome are basically like the equivalent of like 3D video. It's just like we 
it's hard to figure out how to compress it. Well, it's like if if you have a 21st chromosome, 20, 19, 18, 17, any whatever chromosome disorder you have. Yeah. It just no. It has to be the standard layout of chromosomes. Otherwise, this technology doesn't work. We're working on a patch that will make that happen. But for now, you have to just keep taking the regular train. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I was just on a regular E train. It's just got the letter E. It's yeah. just a normal train. And uh, I got onto the train. And then once... And I sat... Uh, there's, there's two kinds of tra- uh, seats in, a, in the New York subway system. There's one which is an old-fashioned kind, which is orangey. And they have sort of designated uh, butt size. Right, they're like bucket seats is what I call little, them. Little buckety seats. And they sort of have, it's almost like they have a suggested butt size. Now, I, this does not match with human being size because you'll see people who are way bigger than yeah. the size that's allotted who have to sit on a weird curve. Then there's these flat, smooth blue seats. Right. And the problem that you notice with those is that the suggested butt size also is like three people can sit in this amount of space. Exactly. The blue smoothies, they, uh, they allow people to use a sort of honor system. So what you see in particular is a lot of guys who like to sit with a wide stance. And they'll take, even guys who aren't that big, will take up effectively a person and a half's worth of butt space. Right, because the, the implied amount for that is still... Three. three people. Yeah. Three people, then the bar. Then the bar, then three, three more people. people. But you'll see a lot of two and twos. You'll see a lot of people. Two oh, and twos with a little half mostly, gap. It's mostly weird people, too. It's weird people, but it's also rude people, and it's a lot of inconsiderate men, very frequently. Yeah. Sorry, guys. It's true. Sorry, boys. Sorry, boys. Sorry if we ruined your day, boys, but it's true. Uh, and someone had to say it. So anyway, um, I sat... On the, it was a blue smoothie, and I sat uh, by the bar in the middle. Okay. And there was a guy who was taking up a person in a half room. I kind of made a point to squeeze in tight so that it made it clear that someone could sit in between us. Right. We go one stop, or I go one stop. I was on my own. I, I just said goodbye to my friend Tom Levin, and I got onto the train, and I go one stop. The doors open, and late at night, often a... Um, the trains will come less frequently, but they'll stop for maybe an extra 20, 10 or 20 seconds longer at each stop so that enough people get on because there's not going to be another train for a while. So the doors open, and a guy and his friend get on. I don't really, I only know this because they would soon get off the train. I didn't right. take any notice. I had my iPhone, uh, my earbuds in, listening to music on my, on my uh, iPod. I don't own an iPhone. I misspoke. I will not own an iPhone for as long as I can. Yeah, I own a BlackBerry curve. I'm ahead of the curve, behind the future. Um, And so the guy and his friend gets on. The guy sits next to me, right next to me, and his friend stands in front of him holding the pole. Right. Uh, What I notice, and I wish I could demonstrate this physically, what I notice, because I don't hear anything except the music I'm listening to, is this guy suddenly does three very rapid jerks forward with his head. I turn, this all happens very quickly, and I realize that he is covered in his own vomit now. More vomit is coming out of his mouth, and I am completely splattered with this man's vomit. Oof, and I hate this already. And 
The vomit looked like if you were to take uh, strawberry yogurt. Is this and a good opening to the podcast? It's not an opening. We talked about Arrested Development. You did your invoices. I guess that's This true. is a memorable story. We're starting with a cold open. This is how an episode of ER would open, and that was the most popular TV show in America. You're right. Let's go ER on this. Uh, so imagine taking uh, strawberry yogurt and plain white yogurt and mixing them, but at the point where it hasn't yet just become a lighter pink, where, so, where you can still see some white and some pink. Right. I, in, everything happened very fast, but my memory of it is slowed down because it was so awful. So I looked, this guy's to my right. He's thrown up all over himself and has completely splattered onto me. I look to my left and make eye contact with the person sitting on the next side of the bar who's looking at me with a horrified face, like, oh, no. And I look to him like, what the fuck? Right. And You both have this moment of, like... Like, we can't believe it's happening. Hell has... There's vomit on the floor. So the splatter basically came from... He vomited on himself, and it splattered from hitting his clothes onto me. God damn. And it hit onto the floor and splattered. I didn't get anything on my shoes, weirdly, but it splattered up to my pants. And it wasn't... Uh, what I would say is it was more like I was completely spackled with it. So imagine taking two big paintbrushes and then doing one good hard like spackle at like something. Jackson Pollock used Jackson you Pollock. as a canvas. Yes. And vomit was his paint. Yeah. And so, and here's the really horrible part I find, uh, is this guy's friend immediately grabs his friend like, we got to get off the train. And they both got off the train. They in no way made eye contact or acknowledged me in any way. Right. Uh, they got off the train. This was happened at the stop they got on. So they literally got on, sat down. He threw up. He's like, we're getting off. They got off. The doors closed. Everyone on the train is now staring at me because I'm now the only living participant in what right. just happened. I'm the only person who was part of this vomiting. Yeah. But they're all looking at me with a look that seems to suggest, like, you're part of this. Right. Like, they know I didn't vomit, but I'm just, I'm covered in vomit. Right. So, uh, this half of the train car starts the clearing out process. People are going to go to the other half of the train yeah. and get away from all this vomit. And I also want to get away from this vomit, but it's also clear from the body language of the fellow humans on the train that they don't re- they're not wild about the fact that I'm part of the exodus of the it, train because I'm bringing some of the vomit with me. It's like those, th- those moments in like um, zombie movies yeah. where the person's like, oh, fuck, I got a cut. Like, yeah. Like, all right, let's get inside. Let's tend to this. And people are like, he's going to turn. You're, you're not coming inside. And it's like, what do you mean? Yeah. What do you mean? I'm with you guys. It's like. I'm sorry, and like slowly lifting the gun up. Yeah. I'm like shaking and like not saying anything. Yeah. And you're like, no, 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 I'm with you. I'm with you guys. I can get over this. And they're just like gun to your head and you're like, no, no. That's very funny. Yeah. So did so, you end up? I'm 45 minutes away from home. So I have, I have uh, to make a train connection. Like I'm just standing there spackled in vomit. Right. Uh, <laughs> I like how spackle is the term you're using. Yeah. And I have a feeling that uh, Spackle brand is not going to be happy of your... Oh, is that a brand? Yeah, it's a brand of, like, uh, sealant. Yeah. Well, tough. <laughs> Deal with it. Um, <laughs> you, you're now associating their... Their... Spackle. Product with... They shouldn't have used such an evocative verb as the name of their product. 
uh, to Spackle. Um, but I really, uh, I mean, I was aware also this was happening. It was awful, but I was also aware, like, this is kind of funny that this happened. It happened right. so quickly. It was so gross. And it was really awful. Uh, and I just couldn't believe how quickly it happened and how quickly I became a pariah on the, on the train. But then there was also a, a weird refreshing that happened because it's late at night, people are getting on the train. The, a few stations later, that part of the train was basically full up with people. They avoided the vomit on the right. floor, but there was not the same, like, uh, there was not the same, like, uh, forbidden aspect to that half of the train. And the more people got on and the more people got off, the fewer people would even realize that what I was spackled in was someone else's vomit. Right. It probably wasn't even noticed, but I just looked like a guy who didn't, wasn't a great dresser or something. That's sort of like life, though, right? Yeah. Is that like something atrocious happens, and then the more time away from it, people just assume that's a part of who you are and don't yeah. realize that you were different before that happened. Yeah, because the only reason, like I was, I was spackled in it, but the main reason people knew or took notice of me because they saw it all happening. It was so vivid and visceral while it was right. happening. But a few stops later, no one was even noticing me. Have we mentioned right yet that we're wearing our 12-hour-a-day shirts? Uh, we have not. We're wearing 12-hour-a-day with J.D. and Connor shirts that one Mark Ledgerwood... Follower of the podcast. Follower of the podcast. Long-time, long-time viewer. Long-time viewer, listener. Listener. Uh, follower on Twitter. Yeah has made these and sent them out to many uh, yeah. of you out there. And in an age where there's a lot of cynicism in the world and we live in a free market yeah. uh, where everything's incentivized and everything is uh, 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 monetized, he did this basically out of the goodness of his heart. Right. He gave T-shirts to a lot of people for free. Right. Just as an act of kindness and enthusiasm. Um, yeah. I, I, it's, it's nice, too, to know that these things exist out in the world. Like, I've seen uh, photos of people wearing these in different parts of the world. Yeah. Which I What's think the furthest away? That Australia. Australia? Juliet in Juliet. Australia yeah. has one, which I think is... A cool thing. Yeah. Also, you know what? I'm going to say this. I like more people listening to this. And I like that people have been sharing this podcast with people in their lives. Yeah. Please rate and review on iTunes, people. <laughs> I, it does sound like that, but you know what? I'm going to say it. Yeah. Share this podcast with yeah. someone because I like... I, it feels like this fun community. It's very strange because it's a, a small community, but it is a community of people. Yeah, it's all made up of people. Right, but that that have a a common language, which is the forty eight hours they've spent with us now. Yeah, soon to be forty eight hours. Yeah, um, which uh, I sort of like that, and it's you, you know at first I was not put off, but I was at first you were afraid, you were petrified. petrified. Um, no, at the beginning I was a little like I didn't know what to make of people coming up and talking about the podcast I think both of us were like that where we'd be like okay with it but it, it felt weird because it was such personal things we're talking about yeah and now I've gotten to the point where I really enjoy it when people come up and talk about the podcast like I really feel 
comfortable. <laughs> and I feel like uh, this strange connection with people that listen to the podcast, where it's like I like when people talk about it or talk about the things we talk about. Yeah. Well, uh, my most or one of uh, a few weeks ago when I I had a brief appearance on an episode of The Guthrie Show, and there was a caller who uh, Shannon I think asked the caller if this person had liked my had been a fan of me on The Gethard Show, because I'd been doing bits on The Gethard Show almost from the beginning right. of the M&N show. And the caller was quite honest and said, uh, oh, not really. <laughs> I said they did not like, I guess, any of the presidential stuff, any of the right. Olympic stuff, all the way through. But then she said uh, she really didn't enjoy anything until she started listening to a 12-hour day, uh, which is... Was, which really amused me because it was also like, oh, well, these are just like, these are just me hanging out with you. Right. So it's like, it's almost like, well, I like you personally, but, but yeah. the things I actually do, it would almost be like if you didn't like a singer, but you hung out with him and you're like, oh, so-and-so from this band is a really nice guy. Right. That. <laughs> it's like, I like, the, I like their personal life, but not necessarily their, yeah, which their is, body of work. Which should be the higher compliment. Right. Uh, I'd rather... I'd rather be, uh, I'd probably rather be, I value someone who likes me as a person more than I would value someone who's like, oh, you're funny, or right. something like that. Um, no, but it, it has been nice, though. I've enjoyed it thoroughly. And I'm glad people are listening. And we, I think we should talk about the fact that today was a, uh, we had alternate plans. Yeah. Um, We're not going to reveal what it was, because... Uh, People know somehow. Oh, though. they do know? People have come up to me like, hey, I heard you're going to do this. What happened oh. to that? Oh, yeah. Well, we're going to do it. I guess we'll do it in a, probably our autumn. Our next episode will probably be in the autumn. Let's say what it is. Yeah. We were going to do today from the, uh, if you go to the UCB Theater in Chelsea, there's a front window, like a display window. Right. And we were going to do most of the 12 hours from inside that window. Uh, but the weather is hot in the summer, yeah. and uh, as it turns out, we would probably uh, suffer bad health effects from, it would basically like being in a, being in a, a under glass with, uh, we, we yeah. would burn alive in that box. Right. And so, uh, instead, we're going to try, hopefully today, we got to go, we got to go make an equipment run, we got to get some equipment at a store. And they're going to try to head down to the Staten Island Ferry, I think. All right? Yes, I think Can we think still so. do it timing-wise? I don't want to screw up your business call. I think we can. Um, um, I think we should try and ride it. I'd like to get multiple rides on it back and forth. Um, even if we have to stop on one side for a while for business calls. Yeah, that works for me. Um, so maybe, who knows? I, I wonder if we're on it for a while. I wonder if we'll get anyone to actually come join us on the ferry. Um, oh, I'm looking here. It's, Mark just tweeted that he's going to attempt a 12-hour zine that matches timestamps with episode four. So there's, there's going to be a zine attached to this episode. Uh, very exciting. Um... JD's back to business. You can hear him typing frantically. I know. I'm sorry. No, it's, it's all right. Don't apologize. It's I mean, just, I feel like you ha you have more of a job where it's like 
you have hours. Mm-hmm. And it's like when you're not there, you don't have to be doing stuff for it. Yeah, and your job never stops. Right, which is frustrating. Yeah, that's, that's mine. Good. Um, well, yeah, so we're going to do that, I think, in the autumn, probably for our next episode, um, when the weather is more um, hospitable to human beings being in a uh, window on a street uh, for more than more than a few hours. Um, but... The reason we kind of want, we're hoping to do it this week is because this is a big this is a big week uh, in the New York City UCB oh, yeah. comedy community. We're, this is we're hoping this episode will be online in time for the Del Close Marathon. Yeah, this is all of my shows. Oh, you made a, uh, for anyone that doesn't know, the Del Close Marathon is basically a three day f- improv festival. A rapidly year by this is the sixteenth year of it, and each year it gets bigger. It gets bigger and longer, and basically it starts with shows during the week, special shows, starting tonight at the theater, and then on Friday the actual festival starts, and what that means is there's eight stages in the city that are relatively close to walking distance, and there are shows going on at almost all of those stages, 24 hours a day, for three days straight. Yeah. And it's sort of a big deal, and there's tons and tons of people that come out to it. And for Im- people in the improv and comedy, well, in the improv world, not in the comedy world, people in the improv world, it's like sort of a, a big thing and it takes up your entire weekend and you don't sleep, you're just performing constantly. I mean, if, or you're either performing constantly or seeing shows yeah. the entire weekend. And the thing that happens, I think, is like, I'm sure this is the case for Connor too. Mm-hmm. So like when you've been around long enough and you perform, yeah. suddenly your slate of shows that people put you on to perform on mm-hmm. Gets very long. Yeah. At, at, early on, if you if the, the first time you get to perform in the festival, it's like that's the most exciting thing. You get to perform a wristband. You get to mm. be on stage with this thing. And yeah. then you get to a point where you're in so many shows at so many different times. I've already just looking at your list. You have multiple shows that you're going to have to choose because yes, you we're both in one word and parentheses, and we can't do both. Right. Um. I, I have to do parentheses. Yeah, me too. I, I Ken Beck organized the one word one. And I really like the idea of it. Right. But I told him last night. I said you got a lot of parentheses in there, and we got to go with parentheses. Especially if we're only going to say going to get to say one word in this other show. That's right. <laughs> um, but I'm. I just handed Connor. I've wrote. I always write down a little index card of all my shows so that I like remember to go to all of them. Yeah. And I have. We're in. I think twelve shows this year that I'm supposed to be in, and I. I my guess is that I will be able to do seven or eight. Yeah. Of them, we're in we're in multiple shows together. We're in, but I can't do one of them at least. We're in the Gethard show at ten. Gethard show. I don't think I'm going to make it over for the Tom Waits improv one because I have Stepfather's right, right. before it, and I don't. I, th- I have a feeling I won't want to rush away right after Stepfather's to get over to yeah. the Beast for a bit show. Exactly, and then mm-hmm. uh, Big Sloppy Naturals. Yes, are you in that? I'm in it, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do it. Good, you can help organize it with me. <laughs> yeah, because I, I big sloppy naturals. That's a show where there'll be some perhaps dangerous activity taking place. It was based on some dangerous activity that happened at South by Southwest among the Gafford show. Based on what you know about Connor and I, something that is dangerous activity that both of us would not want to partake in. You can probably do the math, especially if it's a improv festival in the middle of the night. Yeah, <laughs> you can probably do the math of what that would be. Yeah. Um, I was recently told that it was my job to make sure that no one died, and I said, I, I will not, 
accept that responsibility. Someone yeah. was like, yeah, just make sure like no one gets hurt. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, especially I will at be there five take, in the morning. Right. It's like, I'm not going to do that. That's not my responsibility. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to, I'm, I'm off duty babysitting <laughs> at yeah. that point. I'm looking forward to Pinot Grigio. Yeah, that's always a fun show. And Cabernet, which is... Both of them got in? Yes. Both Pinot Grigio and Cabernet got in, which are just three-person versions of Jump on 3. But Jump on 3 did not get in. And also Shiraz did not get in, which Shiraz and Pinot Grigio have performed both the 3-on-3 tournament. Cabernet has never performed together before. Yeah. Which is me, Matt, Denny, and Mael. Yeah. And Pinot Grigio is me, Matt, Denny, and Phil. So Wouldn't it be better if Jump on 3 just had a half hour? Yes, it absolutely would have been. But uh, it, but you guys, you guys, this is like one of those things where like uh, Dawson Hoffman and John Voight split the vote and John Wayne gets an Oscar. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. split your own Jump on 3 vote. Like if, if none of those groups had applied, the odds of Jump on 3 getting in go way up, don't they? No, because we haven't gotten in the past two years. We've only I been think I saw DCM. your la- I think I saw your last DCM it was, show. It was a good show. It's a good show. That was when I was coaching you guys, right? Right. And then the other team that didn't get get in is Swag. You, Phil, and who? Swag is me, Phil, Sean Diston, Jackie Jennings, Alexis Pereira, Jocelyn DeBoer, and is there anyone else that I'm missing out of Swag? Me, Phil, Sean, Alexis, Jackie. No, that's it. And Jocelyn. Mm-hmm. And that team's a really good team. That's... We've done, we've performed tons. And that's a really, really, really fun team. Mm-hmm. And we've never gotten to DCM. Granted, the first time we applied to DCM, Phil's submission was insane. What? His submission was, you all motherfuckers need to put us in. Prime time or nothing. We don't give a fuck. Swag, 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 swag. We bring the show, motherfucker. It was like, that was a submission. What, what year was that? That was last year. Yeah. So I that f- like, went to John Frusciante and Nate Dern's inbox, and they are like, and no. Uh, I feel like uh, that should have been the submission this year, because I feel like that kind of submission would go over a lot better with Shannon. Yeah, right? <laughs> Just the, yeah. I feel like that. Uh, but I don't know. Um, yeah, the first year, this is my fifth DCM. Uh, that I've experienced. The first year, I just started taking classes. Keep talking. I'm going to use the restroom. Okay. Uh, The first year was 2009, and I had just started taking classes in May, and this was in August that they had it that year. And I I was working at my day job for Friday, Saturday, and half of Sunday at that point. That was when I was working basically six days a week or five and a half days a week. I would do a... Uh, Tuesday through Saturday, and then I would work a half day for overtime on Sunday, which I basically get paid, like, because it was time and a half, it would be like working a full day. But it was an, my only day off was Monday, so it was an exhausting schedule to be on. I did that for about a year. Then they started cutting overtime, and I couldn't do it. But um, that first year, I worked all day Friday. As soon as I was done with work at three, I went up to the theater and got in line, and waited in line for hours, got into the theater at a certain point, saw a bunch of shows till late at night, till probably until about like 12.30 or 1 in the morning. Right. Went home, slept for a few hours, went to work the next morning, left work at 3, went and got in line so I could uh, get into the theater in time to see Death by Ruru. 
And so I waited in line probably from about 3.30 until like 7 was when I got into the theater, I think. Sure. And then I got... The, the I was like the la- I got the last available seat in the theater of the bunch of people right. who were let in and at the line at that point like I got the last seat I could find, and I sat in that seat from seven until like three thirty in the morning. I just wouldn't move. I wouldn't give up my space. Basically, yeah, I did that my first DCM too. I don't think you can do that anymore because they have a lot, a lot more theater cleanings now. They have they? more theater cleanings. There's a lot more people. Yeah, but I remember my first DCM was. Two weeks after we'd started 101. Yeah? That's where me... Was that 2009? That was... You want to know what time that was? Here. Yeah. That was... JD's taking me into his bedroom. I've never been in here. August 1st, 2009. What's FTH stand for? Don't worry about it. This was basically... I'm now showing Connor. In my bedroom, I have a wall of stuff. And upon it are also... All of my friends make me... Little uh, canvases uh-huh. with stuff to art, and so this is one that Phil Jackson made me, which is the that's the date and time that we met. Okay, which was our one on one class, the first day of it. That was the first day of your one on one was August first, two thousand nine. So your first DCM was the same one as mine. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Were you in Chelsea Saturday night? So we yeah. were both in that space. That's so funny. I love stuff like that. Where were you sitting? I was sitting on the um, stage left side of the theater. Okay. In an aisle seat at the upstage end of the theater. Aisle seat at the upstage end of the theater. So you were by the pillar? No, no, no. Uh, uh, stage, stage left, the side thing. Right. Oh, right. Uh, at the furthest to, t- towards the back wall. Okay, I was... Probably the second or third row aisle. I was f- the, at the foot of the stage, the seats that are facing the stage. Okay. The stage right seating section... The other side of the pillar? Uh, yes, on the other side of the pillar. I think Chair or floor? Third row. Oh, third row, okay. Third okay, row. Okay, so we were both in that theater. We didn't know who each other was. No. I was in... Was I in 201 or was I about to start... I guess I was in 201. Maybe about to start 301, actually. Because I'd started 101 in May. Right. And I, 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 th- you know, I think I would have been finishing 201 around that point. Um, so I, I stayed there and then on Sunday I, I went to work and then in the afternoon I went and watched a bunch of shows in the afternoon and then I went and watched the big ASCAT show that night. I've never gone into the big, I've never gone to an SVA show. There, I, you know, I have to say this, not to, not to be negative, but they have a lot of premium shows that are at, um, SVA is not bad, but, um. I've never gone to SVA or FIT. No, I will say this. SVA and FIT, the venues are so big because they book a lot of like shows that have people who are um, on TV shows, big celebrities, UCB veterans, people like that. So it would be like, you know, 30 Rock Prov or things like that would be the shows. But they're in these big, because of the demand, they're in these big echoey venues that are really the worst place you can do improv. So the shows are always good in terms of the quality. Right. But the experience... Improv has to happen in a small space. Right. Like you have to be able to like see the performers. Echo existing. Echo is not the friend of improv either. Acoustically, if you have any echo at all, it starts cutting away at the quality of the improv. Right. If you have to wear body mics to do improv, it automatically makes it like I would say uh, one of the my least happy experiences doing improv is one time doing an outdoor Turco show. 
Right. Where it's just like, we have body mics and it's echoey and it's, it just starts removing all the things that make improv sound. I think ideally for improv, you need to be able to hear the actual voice of the person. Yeah, I think so too. I also... Uh, well, last year... Maybe I shouldn't say this. Well, I'll say it. It's not that big of a deal. I also am bothered by the FITS SVA shows mm-hmm. with the fact that you can get in with your wristband, yeah. but they encourage you to buy $20 tickets to see those shows. If you want if you are just seeing that or uh, you want a guaranteed get in, if you're a super fan of whatever, then right. you want to make sure that you get in first and get a best seat or something like that. But that's so strange to me because it's not like it, like... You can go to like Bonnaroo mm-hmm. and then have to pay $20 to go see Radiohead. or You know what yeah. I mean? It seems like a weird... It's a weird thing, but I don't know that there's a solution for it because they need to charge something because there are people who will go to those who won't want to buy a wristband for the full thing and maybe it does create a... Well, it's like I, think it's like, I feel like it should be like any other festival where it's like, yeah, if you want to go see Radiohead... Buy the festival buy ticket. The, go to the festival. Yeah. And then you'll get exposed to other stuff also. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I feel like that's how it should work. It all, well, I also think it does hurt. I know it certainly has hurt the Gethard show in past years because there will be a big demand of people who want to go see it, but they assume they can't because they didn't buy a premium ticket and they don't exactly. realize they can get in with their wristband. Right. Um, yeah. Because I know that like two years ago, the SVA Gethard show was not as well attended as it should have been. Right. And it was just because people didn't realize that they could get in with their wristband. Right. Um, so there were a lot of you who would have gone down to see that. And it was a really good show, too. Yeah. Um, we're at FIT this year. Where we were last year, right? Where we were last year. And last year, actually, the, the Gather Show last year, and I feel like this year as well, figured out a way of, of making the space work Right. For its size, like last year was more of a happening than a show. Right. This year we're doing like a Game of Thrones. Yeah, and that'll thing. work really well there. I think, and that will be really fun. It'll be. I mean, that's a show that. Right now, if you're sitting at DCM in line, yeah, and it's Friday around nine nine thirty. Yeah, we got to make sure o'clock. we put this early in the podcast so that you could conceivably yeah, right. get to it. If this was an hour twelve, it'd be like, well, you're probably not hearing this till. After right. the show. Come see the Gethard show. Both me and Connor will be performing in it. Yeah. Connor will be trying his best to make it, to perform in it. Didn't you say you might not be able to make it? No, I'll be able to make it. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, the, but I will, I'll have to split as soon as it's done, because i got to change out of my outfit and get over for Stepfathers. Right. Which disappoints me, because if you win the Game of Thrones game, you get to see the pilot of the show in a secret yeah. screening, and that happens right after, right? Right. I'll have to go do Stepfathers. So once again... I will miss out on getting to see the Gether Show pilot. Well, it's on this hard drive right here, Connor. Ah, I could have watched it while you were doing your invoices. You probably could have, honestly. Um, I really would like to There's see it also someday. Fo- I also, it also has footage of you. I have all the footage of you doing your crowd warm-up. Property of Viacom. Property of Viacom. I have, I have no right to it. That. I have no right to you it. You don't. Did I sign something to that effect? Yes. I did, didn't I? You did. Uh, <laughs> you did, absolutely. It's the cheapest I've ever signed away anything. Yeah. Um, now, now that Viacom owns the rights to the character Connor Ratliff, uh, they can keep it. Um, <laughs> Sad. Good luck. Good luck. Um, so the, the first year of DCM, it was just me watching, and I right. I remember being in a competition with another. Because um, when you're in class, one of the things they'll ask is, "Did you see any shows?" And you're, right. when you're in an improv class at UCB, you're required to see at least two improv shows. 
a very modest requirement that I'm amazed there are some people who don't make it. Right. Because I feel like if you're taking improv classes and you can't find it over the course of eight weeks, time to see two improv shows, you're, you don't care. Like, right. You don't really like improv that much. Yeah. Um, I, it, I, is, it, it is harder, I think, when you take the sketch shows because like, uh, when you take a sketch class... Because sketch shows are on certain nights of the week, and I remember having a real trouble because one of the nights that had sketch shows was the night of the class. Right. And then there was like another night that I was bad for me schedule-wise to do. Yeah. But for improv, there's plenty of time. You can go see class show. Right. I used to, I used to, uh, but I used to be really competitive with other students in class. I would always see more shows than anyone else. I was that guy also. Yeah. And I would rack up my totals by going to see class shows. See, I went to DCM, and I came back. Like, how many shows did you see? Yeah. And I think total, I saw 26 hours of shows. Yeah, and some of those shows are 15-minute shows. Because I think every day I was there for 10 hours, and I'd spend, like, six hours in a singular theater. Yeah. I remember there was someone that I was kind of competitive with in the class who she was seeing a lot of shows, and I was seeing a lot of shows, and we got in sort of a playful competition as to who'd see more shows each week, and when it came to the, that DCM weekend, when we came, and the next week I was like, you know, looking forward to having a big total. Uh, I don't know what the number was. I'm sure I could calculate it. But uh, her total was a little bit higher than mine. So she was like, I beat you. I'm like, yeah, but I also was wor- at my full-time job all weekend. So I worked all three of those days and saw this, whereas she had had nothing to do yeah. and had just seen shows. So I had basically almost beaten her, despite the fact I'm like, I also had two eight-hour shifts and a four-hour shift during Friday right. through Sunday. Um, then the next year, my second DCM was the first year that I had been performing in improv right. outside of class shows. And Secret Man Group, which was my indie team, uh, with uh, Matt Cohen, who moved to L.A. <sighs> what an Which, idiot. Yeah. Uh, he was in Secret Man Group. He's so stupid to move to L.A. Now he can't be on the podcast. Yeah, he should have been on the podcast. Oh, um, wow. That's Matt's problem. Too bad. And, um, but Secret Man Group got in, and we were so excited. Like, right. I still get excited thinking about the fact that we get... Because like, we were really nervous. Like, how, what if we don't get in? Like, we really wanted to get in. And... To us, it was like if you got into DCM, that meant you got into DCM just like all the other, like you got into DCM just like the UCB4, like you were in a festival just like the UCB4, like we were all performers in it. Right. We're in a festival with Death by Ruru, we're in a festival with the Stepfathers, you know, we're in the festival, we're all festival mates. And our show was at, I think, 5.30 or 5.45, no, maybe even 5.15 on... Uh, Sunday morning at Urban Stages. Wait, was this your first DCM? First DCM. So it was the second DCM year. So it was 2010. My first DCM was just as an audience member. Right. My first DCM as a performer was 2010. Right. I saw that show. Oh, you did? Yeah. Wow, okay, that's a shame. Do you remember anything about it? Yes, I remember all of it. Unless, unless this might have been the year after. I'll tell you which one it was. Because... Okay. In order to get into DCM, and it's yeah. weird when I think back now, like you can get into DCM, it's possible it is DCM, right. but we really were like, we got, what can we do to get into it? And our coach at the time was Terry Withers, and I invented a form because I felt like we would have a better chance of getting in if it sounded like we did a distinctive form. And I invented a form called seri- uh, Season Finale. And Season Finale was that we would ask the audience to give us the title 
as if we were doing the sixth season finale of a long-running, popular network TV drama. Okay. And uh, so give me a title of a show. Um, Saturday Blues. All right. And then we say, thank you very much. Previously on Saturday Blues. And our opening would be a bunch of scenes from past episodes. I remember you guys doing this. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't think... I don't, it might have been the DCM after that no, I saw No, we never did it except that no, one no, time. No, no, I'm saying... I remember you doing that form. Yeah, we only did that form that year. You didn't do it like an indie show? Maybe we did it in an indie show. Right. I don't think I saw that form at DCM. Yeah. But I, I remember seeing you guys doing that thing and being like, what are these guys doing? Uh... And we, well, the thing is, we were never able to, we invented this form, and it would all, the point of it was, you want to build everything up to a series of cliffhangers. We yeah. wanted everything to end on big cliffhangers. Right. And we practiced it for two months, and we could not do it. Like, we were just, it was, we were so terrified, because we were like, we invented this form to get into DCM, and we just could not do it successfully. Not for the full-time slot. Yeah, no, the, the, the set that I saw of you guys, I think, was probably the year after. Because also, I knew you. Okay, yeah, so it wouldn't have been that year. Uh, Actually, you know, I knew, we weren't friends, but yeah. we knew each other-ish. Yeah. Well, by the next year, we would have. Next year was 2011. We would have known each other from uh, Parentheses and Gethard Show. Then it might have been that year. It I, must have been. Do you been. remember what the set was about? Yeah, I, I, I can tell you. I, well, I can tell you I, this. I'll tell you the set that I saw. Okay. The set that I saw took place in a department store. Mm-hmm. And nope, that wasn't that year. That, that was, was a, the year after. That wasn't the season finale, and it was, uh, yeah, that was the next year. Okay. It was at Chelsea. Yeah, exactly. It was at Chelsea yeah. in the basement. And it was at 5 a.m., and everyone was exhausted. Sleepy Matt Cohen was Sleepy Matt Cohen. Yeah. And you purposely came in screaming <laughs> yeah. to wake everybody up, and the whole set was you yelling about uh, yeah. uh, fur coats. That one was like 6 a.m., I think, because it was actually, yeah. that's even a worse time, because once you get into the actual day, yeah. 5 a.m., some people are still in the up-all-night mode. 6 a.m., they're kind of like, it's time for bed. Yeah. Uh, our fir- the one at Urban Stages, though... Tom Levin was there. He was one of the only... Tom Levin was there and Terry Withers came to watch us as, since he was our coach. He watched our yeah. show. And I remember it was dark when we went into the theater and it was light when we came out. So it was as the sun was basically rising. Tom Levin saw the show. I believe that Alan Starzynski was in the audience of the show. I think he may have yelled out the suggestion and then I know he went to sleep. Um, the... But basically, I remember what we did was our show was a show that had to do with a farmer and his son who uh, had discovered a portal that would to uh, inside one of Saddam's palaces, and they would go back and forth between their farm property and Iraq. Right. And that there was also a, this portal was connected to an alien invasion. I remember there was a scene where I was a farmer. I also remember there's a scene where Peter Shearer was a Pentagon official that was dealing with uh, this problem. Uh, I also remember that, and this doesn't happen often, typically DCM, everything's run on a timer, so your show ends at the time it's going to end. Yeah. The show before us, for some weird reason, ran five minutes over. Right. And the great thing about DCM is you can see the clock, so you know how yeah. much time you have left. The bad thing about this one, especially being our first DCM, was that they ran, they ran five minutes over, and you just go on. So we couldn't find out. We had no way of finding out whether... Ours was going to end at the right time, or whether we were also going to get five minutes extra, right. which is crucial when you're doing an improv show. Five minutes—if you think you're ending and then you get to go on for five more minutes—yeah, 
that can be the difference between your show being good and your show being terrible. Right. And as it turns out, we ended it perfectly at the correct time, and that, and then we did have five more minutes. So really? we had five minutes of like trying to tread water and yeah. find another good ending. Uh, it's funny that you bring up that form because mm-hmm. I coached, directed. I don't know what. I, yeah. I feel like when I, whenever I'm doing improv stuff, I end up more being like. Let's try this. Yeah, let's try this person. Yeah. Uh, I coached Fun, Fun, Fun uh-huh. for, had to be uh, like a couple months. Yeah. And I, ha- I had this dream of doing episodic improv. Yeah. And I did it with Fun, Fun, Fun. Yeah. It to this day is maybe some of the, my favorite improv I've ever seen. Yeah. And they broke up right afterwards because they all, everyone was on teams, everyone yeah. had life stuff. And... I think they will even admit that it was like, it's a real bummer because what they were doing with the episodic improv was great. Like basically how it worked is the one time that was stellar, they're all there is because I'd worked on all this stuff with them getting on the same page for like doing stuff that's not necessarily straight comedy, but it's just like, let's create a piece together. And they're really, they're really good at it. Even though their team is sort of a goofy, fun team. Yeah. They're really good at doing like serious thematic stuff. And I was like, Ooh, these guys are, cause they're also fun, fun, fun is Corey Palmer, Josh Sharp, Mike Lane, Peter Shearer. I don't know if Peter was on the team anymore at that point. So I think he left the team. It's, uh, Natasha Vaynerblatt, Vaynerblatt. How do you say her name? She has a different last name now, doesn't she? Um, who else is on Fun 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 that I'm missing? Alex? Alex French. Yeah. Uh, was Matt? Matt Cohen. Yeah. Yes, Matt Cohen. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it's just like a it's a, yeah, it's a killer team. team. So what I had them do is um, I had them all sit in chairs and I interviewed them, and they had to create their characters in an interview. Yeah. And so I'd interview them so they so they'd get a sense of the relationship to whatever the situation was to each other. They'd sort of like hint at storylines like that. Mm-hmm. And so um, the suggestion I gave them was like microchip or something. Mm-hmm. And so the show ended up being called Compact City. And it was about a bunch of these people that live in a giant corporate facility run by compact computers. Yeah. And it's just, they're these like sort of day-to-day workers in this giant, like almost like Brazil-esque, like Gillian-esque, like, massive corporate thing yeah i think there was like over a hundred floors in the building and there was like some floors where it was like there was like experiment on like babies going on like pregnant women would go there and not come back but it wasn't like that wasn't a big part it was just sort of offhandedly referenced yeah and it was more like a workplace comedy thing where it was like these low mid-level people yeah and like mike lane played the eccentric boss who mm-hmm. had the office up on the top floor yeah natasha was like the janitor it was like so fun and like the first episode was so fun and funny. They had an A, an A plot and a B plot, and they uh-huh. were both very tight and very simple. And then we did another episode, and it was just as and I, And then we did three episodes, and it became the kind of thing where, like, to this day, I'm upset that I don't get to see another episode of Compact City uh-huh. because it was, like, so fun. The characters were so joyful and so simple. Like, I think there was one episode that was... Um, uh, what was it? It was uh, Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it would always open with, like, you know, just, like, two characters together. Like, you know, one character sort of have their home base. It was like, oh, the janitor's office. 
or the uh, IT room or the boss office. There'd be like two characters in there and it'd be like, so uh, what are you doing for Valentine's Day? It's like, oh, I think I'm going to ask so-and-so out on a date. And it'd be like, okay, but you know, I don't know if she likes you. And it'd be like, cut to another scene where it'd be like, oh man, I haven't seen my wife in a long time in this Valentine's Day. And it was like these like perfect A plots and B plots. It was like, oh, it was so, so, so good. Mm-hmm. It's like one of my biggest improv regrets is that Fun, Fun, Fun broke up before yeah. they could perform that anywhere. Yeah. So oh, I, was, only, I so... was the only one that got to see what was like some of my favorite improv. Yeah, I mean, the frustrating thing about great improv is you. it's also the thing that makes it great, which is uh, it's ephemeral, you know, that that you have to be there. There's no real way of capturing it. The, 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 you're either in the room, yeah. you're there for it, or you're not. Uh, I think I, I want to write something like a little post about like my favorite improv shows. Yeah. Because I realized another improv show that I think is my, one of my favorite sets I've ever seen, you are also one of the 25 people that got to see it. Uh-huh. 26 people. Which one? George Caraman and George Anagnostakos doing two prov during oh, yeah. parentheses. Yeah. That's great. That was one of my favorite improv sets of all time. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I almost started tearing up watching it because it was, like, hilarious, but also these are two performers who are very... They were very good friends, still yeah. are, and knew yeah, a lot about personal. each other. And they had very different... But they were very different people. Mm-hmm. And this set was using improv as sort of this, like, meta template to address some of their thoughts about each other. Yeah. And it was just very touching, very personal but also hilarious it was great yeah literally it was like we're we're the only people that will have ever seen that and you know the thing is you it does highlight to me that on the one hand you think like oh it's a shame that there's not a way of preserving this or something that you know there's not a way of capturing it but at the same time it does put me in a frame of mind where i think well like i went and saw the big lebowski over right. the weekend. And now I've lived in New York for 12 years and the opportunities to see The Big Lebowski in a theater have been countless, probably more than any other movie right? Uh, that I can think of. Uh, maybe for a while, Donnie Darko when it was showing weekly, but The Big Lebowski is a perennial in New York City. Right. Like someone, if you want to see Big Lebowski at midnight, wait a few months and it'll either show at Sunshine or IFC or somewhere. Right. Someone will show it. They'll or show it at the MoMA. The Big Lebowski store will show it. Yeah. And I've just never done it, even though it's one of my favorite movies. Um, Me and Gethard went a couple months ago. Oh, really? A Midnight Big Lebowski, yeah. Yeah, and I haven't, I've seen it tons of times in my home. Yeah. Uh, and in other contexts where I've just come across it. But I haven't seen it in the theater since the original theatrical release, uh, which I saw in Manchester. I took a train from Liverpool to Manchester to go see it because it wasn't playing anywhere in Liverpool. And... The, as I was watching the theater, I had this feeling of like, this time, of like, hmm, like, I wonder will I see, like, I always felt like I'll see it in the theater again at some point. But, you you do reach a point where you think, like, you watch a movie for like a second or third time, where you're like, I wonder if I'll watch it again. Like, yeah, I mean, that is interesting, I do think about that constantly where... The only thing that scares me about death is I think about the amount of things that I will not do again before I die. Yeah. And it seems like we have so much life ahead of us, right? Like, neither of us are probably... Yeah, neither of us 
statistically are even halfway through with life. But there's so many. I am. No. (laughs) Statistically, no. Maybe not statistically, but statistically, no. Yeah. Uh, But in terms of your own self-deprecating expectations, yes. Yeah. According to your self-deprecating expectations, you died years ago. (laughs) No, I mean, I'm. I feel like I'm very much at the halfway point. Okay. Yeah. But still, that's a lot left. Uh, it's a lot left, but also. I, I just I've got reached the point now where, ten years ago, if I were to watch The Godfather, it's going to be depressing when I die early of some weird thing. People listen back to this and are like, "Ooh, they're talking about who's going to live longer." And no, no, yeah, hey, younger, and he got fucking. I don't whatever. know the, whether, we, whether we made this specific point or not, but it could be that we all die of the same thing, and it's in a way that makes it so that no one will ever listen to podcasts. Yeah. Right. Uh, the, but just me being like, oh no no no, I'm definitely have ha- I'm not halfway there yet. You're not, and then it's going to be. Like, yeah. I'm going to die in two years of like some bizarre disease. Uh, I don't think it'll happen. Malaria. Yeah. Um, but ten years ago, if I were to watch The Godfather Part Two, and now I would now me saying this is weird. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Now I would know. Then I would know. Oh, I'm going to see The Godfather Part Two again. This is just one of many rewatches that I'll yeah. have. I've now reached the point where I feel like I probably will see The Godfather Part 2 again, but it's also conceivable that I won't. And the thing that you don't know, like, because we're living in real time, yeah. there are things that, uh, you know, like, once you start quantifying, like, how many more times am I going to have hot chocolate? Uh, 3,000. Well, that's a lot. But then you're like, wait a second, how is that, how many times is that? Like, you don't know... Yeah. You have a finite number of things theoretically left that eventually it will be revealed, oh, it turns out he saw The Godfather Part Two only one more time and he never saw The Big Lebowski again. Not in a theater. Or I think about this, is that there's... You know, everyone's like, oh, there's certain places I wanted to visit, but it's like, there's places right now... Yeah. ...things going on that I will never, ever see. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's places that I just won't... Like, Like there's, there's major cities... Yeah. ...that I won't go to. Yes. Like, right now... I might never go to Vancouver. And it's like a very close... It's like, I'll probably never go to Vancouver. But 15 years ago, it was always a maybe, right? Right. There's places, like, if you ever thought you were going to go to Iraq to visit Iraq... Right. Iraq might not exist a year from now. It might be three separate uh, uh, factions, three separate new countries. Right. Um, it is... It's, it's just very strange. And, like, I think about that about movies, too. Like, um, I saw the movie 16 Blocks in theaters. The Bruce like, Willis? I think it was the first... It might be the first date I went on. Oh, man. Congratulations. I know. But also, that'll be a sad... That'll be a sad thing to look at and realize the, how old I was when I went on my first actual date. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because that's a fairly recent movie. Yeah, I know, right? I mean, that's, like, older Bruce Willis with a mustache. Right. Um, what year was uh, 16 Blocks? Uh... Uh, whatever year my like junior year of high school was. Well, actually, you know oh, that I, makes me feel old. Um, the uh, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's like a weird spinning. Um, yeah, but well, actually, I'll, you know, what? I I had gone uh, uh, I had gone maybe on <clears throat> dates before then, but that was the first. That was the first time that it was like a date date. Yeah, um, I think my first actual date was to Ghostbusters two. Really? Yeah. Oh, 1984 also. This is, uh, this is an insane thing. Yeah. I just answered a question that I asked like 
20 Two. hours ago on a podcast. Yeah. 1984 was the week because basically it was this past weekend in yeah. 1984 was the weekend that I was trying to figure out oh, in the last, episode yeah. two yeah. of what the weekend was that had all the movies in it. And what was it? <sighs> oh, you can't. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I'll figure it out. But, uh, what I was, but the reason I'm cycling around from all this is that I think one of the healthy things about improv is it we do a lot of things to try to give the illusion of like uh, permanence right. to things. You know, we have things that we like, and we, you know, I collect all the yeah. movies that I like, even though there are movies in my DVD collection that I'll probably never get around to watching, even though I love them. Right. But I just have them and covet them and keep them on the shelf. Right. But, like, am I really going to watch all of John Cassavetti's films again? I've seen them once or twice. Right. And they're hard to get through. Am I really going to take time in my 50s to watch Husbands by John Cassavetes? It's a slog to get through. A great movie, but it's a chore to watch. Well, there's also a thing that is weirds me out sometimes too which is um, there's things where it's like you probably won't you could but you won't yeah. but then there's things like that would likely be impossible for you to do you know what I mean yeah. like anytime where it's like oh I couldn't watch all of whatever TV Seinfeldian show or right. rewatch all of the Simpsons right like even if like I sat back to back and watched all like I couldn't watch all these TV shows. I mean, that's probably not the case right now because I think you probably fit a lot into. Yeah, but it would be years. too big. A, yeah, but it would be too big a thing, and you right. a, a, you couldn't do that without sacrificing watching a lot of new stuff. There's an interesting question someone posed on Reddit once, which was, "What was the last? What at what date did you was, stop caring? No, was <laughs> was the <laughs> what at what date in history uh, did the lap that was." Who was the last person to have read every book? Oh, right. Because there was a period in time where you could ostensibly have read, and people did exist who had read every book that existed, mm-hmm. and that at a certain point it passed the threshold where that was possible. Possible. Yeah. And I think there was someone, like, uh, I think even someone in like the live the uh, Alexandria. Yeah when that library was still around that had like yeah. read everything in it. Yeah. And then like after that point, because there were no copies of, it was sort of like you either had those books or you didn't have those books and people didn't have the technology to be creating their own books independently. Yeah. So it was like you knew that was the one place where they could come out of. Whereas now it's like, it's impossible to read every book. It'd be yeah. impossible for me to see every movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even if I, I stopped, that's the scary thing. If I chose not to think of to disregard every movie that's already been made and only focus on new movies coming out, yeah, it would get ahead of me so quickly that it would it'd be impossible. Yeah, I cannot see every movie that's going to come out. Yeah, oh, right. Yeah, that's a and, weird. And thing. you do like you have to like uh, just give in to stuff like that. Uh, you just have to accept it. It's just yeah. like can't do it at all. And yeah, it's weird. Like I went to Alaska a couple uh, years ago on a. Turco, and it was like, oh, I actually never thought I'd go to Alaska. Right. Because I'm not the kind of person to just be like, oh, I'll block out two weeks to go to Alaska. Right. If I could just have two weeks to just stay in my apartment, I'd do that. Yeah. Um, but having a reason to go meant like, oh, cool, I'm going to go to Alaska, and this will be the only time I'll ever do this. Yeah. I took a photo. The first 
Gethard RV tour that we did, the first first one, yeah, I took a photo with Riley outside of a gas station, weird gas station mm-hmm. that was like a hot dog place slash gas. It was like a very strange place. Yeah, I don't even remember where it was anymore. I think it was somewhere in like northern Kentucky or something. Yeah, that we just drove through, and as we exited, I stopped and I went. I'm never going to be back here again. Because it was like some random offshoot road yeah. that we just happened to stop at. And I was like, this is the last, I know for a fact, this is the last time I'll ever be at this place ever again in my life. Yeah. And we took a photo of it. And there's a photo of Riley and I standing outside this place. And it's a place that I will, because now that I don't even remember where it was, yeah. I for sure will never go back there. And I remember being in that moment being like, I'm never going to, like, looking at the bricks in the wall and being like, I'm yeah. never going to be able to touch this brick again in my life. And even though it's such an inconsequential small thing, something about that is sort of powerful and strange. Yeah. I'm going to make you an unlikely promise. Okay. The likelihood of this happening is so small, it's almost not even worth measuring. That's why I feel confident making it. Okay. Um, but I'll make you this unlikely promise. If our lives take a turn... Right. In, and we find ourselves in such a place where we can't believe we got to this point. But let's say circumstances of our lives bring us to the point where I am going to have to murder you. Okay. I'm going to do it in that place. <laughs> That'll be so complicated for you. Yeah. Also being... That's why... I, I you're think, a smart guy, Connor. Mm-hmm. But at a certain point, the amount of effort that will take for you to murder me at that place, yeah. I think will outweigh any strong feelings you would have towards having to murder me. Like, um, just knowing you, I feel like you would go back on that promise pretty quickly no. if you had to murder me. No, because whatever happens is going to be so difficult for me. That like, it will change you. That it will change me. And I feel like if we find ourselves in those, again extremely unlikely. So I can't imagine what... I'm, what I'm thinking is if our lives take a Walter White, uh, Jesse Pinkman... I could, see a couple, I could see a couple situations where we'd have to kill one, one or the yeah, other. Yeah, I'm not talking about a mercy kill. I'm talking about, like, I have to murder mm, no, you. No, yeah, I can think of murder situations. Um, I, I have trouble imagining that, but I don't know how we'd get to that point, to point Z on that, on right. that spectrum. But, but if it comes to it. pass, my promise is I will find where that location is. Don't show me the photo of where it's at really? because that it increases it the odds of it happening. It won't be the photo of where it's at. It'll be the photo of us in front of it. No, no, no. Don't yes, do it. Yes, JD, yes. JD, you are spinning wheels in motion that you don't... You're making it easier for this to happen. You're making Let's it more likely. Don't, fates, don't test the fates, Let's JD. Test don't test the fates. because Let's see if God is listening. Oh, God. Do not prove... God, I don't want to see. If you're listening, you will let. <laughs> I don't want this to happen, JD. I want to see what this fucking. No, but that was my promise that if I find we find ourselves in a circumstance where I am forced to murder you, right? I will make sure that and you and I wanted and I would do it in such a way that I you would only us at DCM last year. You and me at DCM. Yeah. Oh, yeah, when we were making up that song last year that we can't remember. Yeah, and that, that crowd's formed around us and listened to us, you, me, and Catherine Moon on performing We, we made up this great, great little song, performed for a long time, and then we immediately forgot what the song was. I can't even remember what the words were. I remember the words for a while, but I can't remember the tune. Now I don't remember any of it. If you remember the words, I could get the tune back. Um, uh, it, uh, is it in the caption? Oh, it might be. Um... 
Oh, okay. Catherine said one word of it that I remember, but I will not remember the two. What is it? She says, life of the party. Oh, yeah. Uh, we were, there, okay, it was also, Connor and I had not slept for a long time. Yeah. We were both exhausted. We're sitting on an inflatable couch. There's an inflatable couch that we're sitting on that caused you to like, be sort of like in a prone laying position. Yeah. And we sat there, and we both had our eyes closed, and as you know from certain things that have happened on this podcast, when Connor and I both get tired, our joy comes from very infantile yeah. repetitions and insane things. And so we started singing this song, and then Catherine joined in, that we just kept repeating. We had our eyes closed, and then people just started gathering around and listening to us do this, because we just kept doing it on loop. Yeah. And it was something like... I am the life of the party, something like, like that. I am the life of the party, like, or something. I am the life of the party. I am the life... Yeah, it's close to that. It's there like, was a little I am the life of the party. party. What? We I are having fun. Yeah, that's right. I, I am, am the life, life of the party. party. We, we are having fun. Whoop. I am the life of the party. Yeah. We, it was can like you, something like that. Uh, that can you play a rain sound effect? Sure. Oh, oh wait. Are you going to find that photo? <laughs> yes, but also the funny thing is I have a, I have a rain sound effect favorited. <laughs> um... Hilarious. All right. I no joke would li- I, I listen to this when I write. Yeah, so let's play this so I can hear it in the background. JD. JD. What? Where, where am I? You know where you are? No. What the, what the fuck's going on? You remember that promise they made you, JD? Oh, God, Connor. Don't look at me. Oh, God, Connor. Don't look at me. What is it? What is, is this blood on me? What the fuck? Connor, where the fuck are we? You're already dead. What? No! Could it rain at this place? Uh, or was yeah. it in the desert? And then it has to be the Rocking for a Dream soundtrack. Yeah. Double, double. Rubble, rubble. Double, double. Rubble, 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 double. Rubble, rubble. Um, but uh, cycling back again thematically the thing about improv I like the fact that it makes you come to terms with an element of living in the moment accepting the fact that like what you have is now right? uh, and not getting hung up on preserving it yes Uh, there'll be another one soon uh, we'll do this one and you, you either see it now and have fun and enjoy it while we're here and then it's over and then there'll be a new one. There'll be a different one. That's easy to find. Um, never ever will we be at this spot ever again. And I was, now I have to kill Riley too when it happens. It's a photo of Riley pointing at the name of this place. It is, looks like a scene from Breaking Bad. Which is Love's. It has a, a weirdly shaped... It looks like that heart logo on the, show, on the store Love's was a compromise between making it look like the iconic heart symbol and an actual human heart. It's a very strange, yeah. And actually, you could find where this is because there was a police car behind. Yeah. And I bet you could find information on that. Yeah, I don't want to because, again, I don't want to have to murder you and Riley. Uh, But also the truth of this, Connor? Yeah? Is is that if you're in a situation where you're going to try to murder me, I would for sure kill you first. (laughs) Uh, That's probably true. 
you are far more likely to murder me than I am to murder you. I'll yes. say that. This is probably true. Because, um, because I'm far more, far more likely to murder you than you are to murder me because it is both a, any reason that I would have to murder you and any reason that you would have to murder me, I think would result in me murdering you because you would try to kill me and you would pause with a slight humanity and I would kill you because I knew you were trying to kill me. Like any situation where you were trying to murder me, Maybe, I, don't I think know. I would be able to kill you first. I don't know. I, I'll say this. My level of desperation can amp up higher than yours. Yes, but I think your my, level level, of, my level of animal instinct attack... Mm, I don't know. I think it physically I'm overpower this. you also. I'm going to say this. Your level of... And you're more clever than I am. And you're more ambitious. Uh, and I those are more physically powerful than you also, though. You're lanky, though. Connor, I got some padding. Connor, look at these guns. Connor, look at these guns. You do guns. have a funny Popeye muscle. Like, you have a muscle that actually pops out, like, the way a strong cartoon character. Connor, look at this. Look at, look at this man. Look you at this do man. That? You do that like Max Katie. You have a Max Katie workout bar. I do. I also have weights. Uh, that when I'm... I'll say this, though. I'll say this. Yeah. Uh, your, my level of desperation amps up higher than yours. This is true. But I think and that would hurt you. I would hurt you too. It, once it got to it, um, I'm saying I'm saying I think your def- desperation will would hurt your ability to follow through on. No, not survival desperation. People have been surprised when they think uh, when they find themselves in a circumstance with me because I'm not inclined towards brutality, physical brutality, but they they'll. F- People have been surprised that I'm a little scrappier than I've seen. You've also never played sports with me, though, Connor. If you played sports with me, you would see a side of me that... You never saw me when what, I was like, on my Ambien. On the swim uh, team? I never swam. Were you on the swim team? Never. Was Matt coming on the swim team? What was that argument in the last episode? It was just about swimming. You never been on the swim team? Never. I Why hated not? swimming. I was good at it, but I hated it. Mm, that's the truth. I hated it. Ugh. But you were good at it. I was. My mom always laughed because, it, like... You're, like, I, perfect for swimming. Well, I hated swimming. And my mom put me in swimming classes. She's like, you need to, like, you need to be good at, this. Be good at swimming. Just because it's not, at, just, like, for safety's sake. Yeah. And they'd have races. And I'd, like, hate being in the pool. I just, like, wouldn't want to play dumb games and this and that. And I, I hated swimming. And they'd have races. And I would always win because I wanted to get out of the pool. <laughs> I wanted to get out of the pool. Yeah. But then that meant that I'd be in the next race. And I'd be like, just, I don't want to, yeah. fine. And then I'd do very well. I was a good swimmer. I was a very athletic kid, but I didn't like swimming. Do you remember in the, when I was coaching Jim on three in the practice where you started talking about how it's impossible to, uh, if someone comes at you with a knife, it's impossible to uh, yes. defend yourself against them? Yeah. And you started demonstrating against members of Jump on three? Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the most terrifying things I've ever seen. What, me trying to kill people in Jump on Yeah, 3? you just demonstrating like... You were like, no, it's terrifying. Like, I've watched these videos where people try, yeah. and you can't do it. And he says, look, you can't do it. And you just started pretending you had a knife, and you were going at the other members of Jump on 3, showing how uh, if you had a knife, no one would be able to stop you. Right. And Well, like, the, fa- the famous analog is, like, right now I have the Sharpie. Yeah. Like, if I can get any ink on you... That's a cut. That's a cut. Yeah. And, like, look, if I... Don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. See, Please don't. Even if, Please you, don't. even if you grab my hand... Yeah. 
I can just. So, you know so I, mean? I hate this, JD. Please stop. <laughs> but you see what I mean? Like, yeah. you had both hands on my wrist, not yeah. on my arm, my wrist, which means you have full control. Yeah, and you and still. I could still turn it towards your arm to slit you in the wrist. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like. Yeah. The, now, the difference would be in that, in that circumstance, I'm not likely to headbutt your face. Right. In a knife situation, certain options that aren't in the pen scenario come to light. Right. Uh, because even with my full defense of that, that's different than if, I, if someone's actually coming at you with a knife. It also balances out in that you're... I would be pan- actually trying to... You'd be actually trying, and also the panic factor throws uh, out of whack a lot of your right. critical faculties. Because the thing with a knife, too, is like I could just come up and just grab Please. you. Yeah. I'm yeah. not going to do it grab you and then just start you know what I mean yeah and what you can't block a knife with your hand yeah that's a scary 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 thing one of my favorite moves by a character in a movie it wasn't even a movie that I liked but I remember thinking uh, it was like you know when there's like cool moments in movies where you're like where you see a character like get an advantage over another character do you ever see the I think it was the gift with uh, um I think it was a Sam Raimi movie with um, uh, um, Hilary Swank, maybe, and Keanu Reeves was in it. And I think there was a point where, I, I could be misremembering the details, but there was a point in that movie where Keanu Reeves like pulls a gun on Giovanni Ribisi. Giovanni Ribisi's character, I believe, is a little bit crazy. And his response to the gun is to uh, push his forehead up against the gun and yell at Keanu Reeves, go, do it. Yeah. And Keanu Reeves is so disturbed by, like, it's just like a completely unexpected yeah. thing. I always feel like those, those moments in movies are always surprisingly effective. Yeah. Like the seen- moment in, in The Line of Fire where uh, John Malkovich is holding Clint Eastwood and Clint Eastwood has pointed the gun at him and Malkovich just puts his mouth on the gun and yeah. kind of is smiling like he so doesn't take it seriously as a threat. Right. Uh, Did you ever see Ricky O? No. What's Ricky O? It's a super violent, like, Japanese movie. No, I've never seen it. From, like, the 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, basically this martial arts guy named Ricky. Yeah. Who, that also goes by the name of the, the story, of Rick, story of Ricky. Uh-huh. He goes to this, like, super, everyone gets put in jail. It's like, a, you know. Yeah. And so he's in this jail full of these, like, monster people almost. And, like, it's just a super violent thing where the, all these people are trying to kill him. And there's this great moment where someone has a knife and tries to stab him. And Ricky just takes the knife through the palm. Like, he yeah. takes it and then just uses that, like, then gains control of that person's wrist by just having the knife go through his hand. Yeah. And then, like, uses that. Yeah. I love stuff like that where it's, like, people, it, it's, it's the most unrealistic thing ever, but people just being, like, accepting wounds to, like, yeah. Also, in that movie, he reties together his uh, leg, his tendons that yeah. get he, his hand gets cut. Yeah. And he, with his hand, ties back together his tendons and then fights again, which I love. It is always I think I've mentioned this before, but maybe not this example, but like one of the reasons that the last Mission Impossible movie was so well liked is the fact that like Tom Cruise was really smart about playing his character getting hurt. Yeah. Which is always, like, the smartest thing yeah. that you can do. Uh, it's the Harrison Ford, Bruce Willis, and Die Hard trick. It's that sort of thing where it's like, yeah. if, you'll just exp- if you'll just put 20% of your vanity on hold... Right. Like, Steven Seagal movies are always 
not entertaining right. to me because he doesn't have. He's so vain. Right. He's he's never. Um, he's never uh, vulnerable. Uh, yeah, he's never vulnerable, and the struggle is what makes those movies. Like you'll buy everything else that Indiana Jones does because he gets cut up while he's doing right. it, or he acts like he doesn't like it, or whatever. Which is why the new one was not good. Um, that's not why, but well, that's one of the big didn't reasons. help. Well, there was a little bit of. Uh, I mean, it's why Indiana Jones didn't feel like Indiana Jones at all. Well, I would say there's a few moments, like there's the moment where he swings in the opening chase and he misses and crashes into the truck. Right. Um, or even, I would say, in the nuke the fridge moment where it's like he has to take the last desperate option. Right. But, yeah, it could have used a little more of that and a little less of other things. Um, but I... Tom Cruise in The Last Mission Impossible. Did you see that one? Ghost Protocol or whatever? I think you'd like it. But Tom Cruise is great at running and looking really desperate while he's running fast. Right. Like looking frightened and thinking like panicked, like this isn't going to work. I'm not right. going to get there in time. And it makes like he's, I think Tom Cruise might be the best runner in modern movie thrillers. It's so funny because my dad always said that growing up. Yeah. Because he actually has relatively good running form. Yeah. There's some actors that have really bad running form. Yeah. I would be one of those if I ever had to run in a thing. And it's embarrassing. Like, Seagal is one of those guys. Mm -hmm. There's actually a really funny clip of Steven Seagal running. Uh, But your dad always said Tom Cruise? Yeah. Well, and part of it is he doesn't just run. He's acting while he's running. Right, here. See? This is a clip. If you search on YouTube, Steven Seagal runs like a girl. Uh, we're watching a clip now of... It's called Steven Seagal Runs Like a Girl. It's on YouTube. Uh, and he just has really goofy running form. It's, yeah, I wouldn't say it's that he runs like a girl, well, but... Well, look at this first. The first run really shows it off. It's weirder than anything else. He runs... I would say he doesn't run like a girl. He runs like a weirdo. Right. That's a weirdly robotic run. And now I'm watching a clip called The Evolution of Tom Cruise's Run. Yeah. Um, I would say Ghost Protocol features prime running from him. Okay, so yeah, the Evolution of Tom Cruise run starts with taps. Got the Outsiders. It's going to get a lot more fierce. Like this early running. Risky Business, he's not yet there. Risky Business is not... Yeah, he, he's... It's natural running. It's not like... And it, you know what I bet it is? Is that once he started doing action movies, someone taught him to run. Yeah. Legend. Legend running. Yeah, baby. But that is not the Tom Cruise run no. that's happening yet. Tom Cruise run has arms much tighter. Yeah. And like I think someone legitimately taught him how to run. The uh I would the firm has some really good running. I mean I've probably talked about the firm before. I am a big fan of the movie of the firm. I think it's an unheralded great movie. Right. Um yeah, he's doing like Floppy arms at a certain point. Oh, yeah. Days of Thunder seems to be when it happened, right? Days of Thunder. Far and Away. Already his running Still, is more intense. That, yeah, Far and Away. Days of Thunder is when it happened. That's Days a, of Thunder is when it happened. Look at that running in the front. Yeah. Like, that is good movie running. Yeah. He means it. All that running with the briefcase at the end is so fantastic. Now Mission Impossible, we're heading towards some prime running See, from now Cruise. this is actually really good running for him. Jerry Maguire knows how to run. He knows how to run in slow motion, too, where he's feeling it. Uh, now some take 100 of Eyes Wide Shut running. Yeah. 
Uh, I didn't like Mission Impossible 2 as a movie. Vanilla Sky. That scene in Vanilla Sky is great. Just because it's empty Times Square. running there. And Look at this. Yeah, solid running. But boy, when you get to go... I hope this goes up to Ghost Protocol. Uh, I never saw The Last Samurai. Did you ever see that? No, I didn't. Um, I like some other Ed Zwick films. That's the guy who right. co-created 30-something. But his movies are all giant, epic movies. He also went to my high school. Really? Yeah, among many other people. What's he like? Uh, I didn't go to high school with him. Yeah, but did he ever come back for Alumni Day? No, he didn't. Um, and this is to a Tom Petty song? Yeah, very strange. Runaway Train, but... Oh, yeah, so they were doing their run. Uh, and they included non-running Tom Cruise movies as a list at the end. This is a nice touch. Um, <laughs> eight movies listed in which he does not run. Uh, but this does uh, not you know, include Ghost Protocol. One New House is a really good run- movie runner? Who? Wait. Okay, yeah. Who else is it? Oh, Kevin Bacon running? Yeah, but I bet he was good at running from the start, right? Uh, yeah. And this is also a great movie scene. Tremors is a great movie. Tremors is... Tremors is in the pantheon with Gremlins and other horror comedies that balance the elements just right. right. Yeah. I would also, in a minor way, although I haven't seen it long enough to remember, I would put Arachnophobia in there. Uh, Probably doesn't hold up, maybe? No, it doesn't really hold up. Whereas Tremors, I think, was the height of... Funny, clever. Funny, clever. Good, good idea. Good idea. Good execution. Good monster. Yeah. When you see it, it looks good and scary. Yeah. And it's kind of thing that when you watch it, you're like, you walk outside and you're like, ooh, God. Yeah. And the characters are all great. Like, yeah. Yeah, Michael Gross is in it. Yeah, you have a, a good balance of like star, non-star. Oh, boy. Yeah. Let's recommend Tremors to all our viewers and listeners. I, I don't was, know whether... I was a diehard Tremors fan. Yeah. To the point that I've seen every Tremors movie and the TV series. How do the other? How do these sub? They get worse. Yeah. And then the TV show is. Is Michael Gross in the TV show? Uh, which one is he? He was the dad on Family Ties, the no. survivalist no. with Reba. Oh yes, 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 he is, he is the survivalist. Yes. He's in the TV show. Yes, he is the TV show. Yeah, because I feel like Michael Gross was the one that sort of latched on to be like, I'll keep doing Tremors. Yeah. I like Michael Gross he's a lot. He's the only one that's in all of them. And is he good in all of them, or does he get bad as the show goes? No, on? he's he's actually. Good, because he's a caricature, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess they didn't have good... I just remember Kevin Man. Bacon having a good running scene in something. Although this is just a great yeah. scene. Yeah. That monster's so good. Yeah. Um... No, he has a plan. Man, oh man. Sorry for this moment of silence, but we are just caught up in the final scene from Tremors. And this is such a great shot. Yeah, that monster is great. Ugh. What a satisfying ending to the movie. Um, and I, I know it's funny because he goes, can you fly, you sucker? And that comes into play in the third movie. Oh, really? Yeah. In a I way that's satisfying? But it's not fun. Oh. It's like, uh, it was back when sci-fi made a lot of original movies and they had a lot of cheap CG in them. Yeah. It's just like, and that doesn't look like CG in that. None of that's CG. Yeah. That's, I think, honestly, I, if I've had an opinion on monster movies, which I have many of them, Yeah. 
I think the worst thing to happen to monster movies is CG. Yeah. I think the success and failure comparison between monster movies has to do specifically with whether they were live action monsters or if they were CG. CG monsters have never scared me. Well, if you watch the original like Hellraiser movies or, yeah. or like you know Nightmare on Elm Street, any of this stuff, any of the live action effects are always great. Now, if you were making a monster movie, would you would would you have a problem with employing the Jurassic Park method, which is that you never use the same method, you you vary it from shot to shot depending on what your needs are, or would you be like, I just want live action stuff? I would use compositing. But I would almost never want to have a CG. Like I think that's honestly the thing that kept Signs from being. Because I think Signs is a great movie, except the CGI the end reveal of the alien is underwhelming compared to the amount of tension that is built up. Yeah, but it would not have been if they had had a live action alien. Um, the fact that it's like bad CG. Yeah, immediately cuts out. What is, I think, some of the best tension that's ever been built in a movie like that? I, uh, I have, I was, it's funny you mentioned that because I was about to mention The Village. Yeah. And I, I mean, M. Night is a fascinating study of a career because if you'd asked me after, around the time of Signs or, or, or uh, The Village, when he had already made two movies, Signs and The Village are both movies that are now regarded generally as failures. Right. Uh, but I think they're both movies that are... Signs? I don't think Signs is. People hate that ending. People hate the ending, but people will all say that it's a great movie except for the ending. I don't know. I feel like the, the dislike for the ending... I feel, like the, I feel like the read on his career now is that people like Sixth Sense, people who have good taste like Unbreakable. Some people prefer... Sure. I think Unbreakable is his best movie start to finish. Sure. Um, but generally, people mostly throw out everything except The Sixth Sense now. They just it, it just all goes in the trash pile with all the failures that have happened since. Yeah. Not to, I don't want to trash talk people, but I do have a strong opinion about what's great about him. Yeah. Um, and I feel like um, with the village, and I believe there's a fan edit. Although I have had trouble trying to download fan edits, I seem to always get like dead torrents or things like that. Right. There's a fan edit of the village that is called something like the monsters were real. When I was watching The Village and those monsters first appear and they look like something out of an old fairy tale, when I thought there were real monsters in the woods and I thought that um, Bryce Howard was going out of the woods and there were real monsters after her out there right. before you, it's revealed what is actually happening, right. um, I thought that movie was going to be one of my favorite movies of all time. I loved that first time when you see the hooded like wolf creatures going to check to see if they could get into these houses in the village and they all have to stay inside because otherwise the monsters will get them. I thought, oh my God, he's really making like a modern adult Grimm's fairy tale. And then he tried to do that the next year with the lady in the water, but it didn't have the same vibe or feeling. My feeling with signs, but but the great thing about those was it was just physical things. It wasn't yeah. a CGI thing, and it was the same sort of quality. My feeling with signs, signs is one of the movies that, like the ending of the movie Seven, is one of the few times I've been in a movie theater where I suddenly feel you realize that most movies you go see, you have all your safeties on. Yeah, if you go see Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol, it's a fantastic movie. But even though you feel the tension, 
there's no part of me that feels like I'm worried about Tom Cruise's character, even if I'm actually worried in the here and now. I feel like he's not going to die, and if he does, it's going to be for a dramatically good, yeah. satisfying feeling. It'll be a tragic death, but it's not going to be a thing where suddenly the rug is pulled out from under you and he dies like in Psycho halfway through the movie and it'll be a shock or whatever. The ending of the movie Seven was one of the first times I can remember, not as a small child, but as an adult who knows the conventions of storytelling, where I couldn't believe the movie was actually... I was like, this can't be happening. Right. This movie can't end with the killer that we just met. They caught him. He's caught. And he is surrendered and it's actually like the knife through the hand type thing where it's like, I'm turning myself in because I've already won. I'm willing to be incarcerated because I don't care if a knife is through my hand. Basically, it's like the most terrifying thing in a movie. A villain who's like, I've already won. I can do anything. And the ending of that movie, I thought Signs was was doing a similar thing to me. The scene in Signs where the aliens are outside the house and they're getting into the house... And Mel Gibson, they're, they're, they're gradually getting deeper and deeper into the house. Right. And Mel Gibson has taken this opportunity to tell his young children about the day. I get, get, look at, I literally just got chills on my arm right. remembering right. this moment. I have goosebumps everywhere when I think yeah. of this. Mel Gibson, who is a former man of the cloth who's right. lost his faith, and he's telling, as they are about to be killed by these aliens who are coming into the house, he takes this moment to tell his children about the day that they were born. Right. And they're down in the basement, and the lights go out, I think, and he's, I think he starts praying, doesn't he? Yeah. And I remember thinking, this is where the movie's going to end, and I can't believe it. And I remember thinking, like, that's amazing to end this movie with a man with his family, with his children, and he's choosing to live this moment not as a moment of terror, but as a moment of hope, a moment of like, well, maybe, the, maybe this is the last moment we get, so I'm not going to have it be me scaring the shit out of my children. I'm going to tell my children something beautiful. Right. But there's a part of him that's also out of fear, out of desperation, also willing to believe in something because he needs to. Yeah. And I remember thinking, this movie is one of the most powerful movies I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Because they're going to end it with this family about to die, and you just have to hope. Right, and not even like facing their death, like literally like this terrifying darkness where you know these things are there about to kill them. Yeah, they're, he's there with his young, innocent children in the dark of the basement with his brother yeah. and his children. And these monsters are going to devour them. They're going to destroy them in the dark. But they're together, and they hope that there's something better. And I thought, this is one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. And then there's 15 more minutes of plot twists. There's five more minutes of the improv set. Yeah. And the twist at the end is not bad. You know, there's the thing about his wife said, swing away. And it was this inexplicable last thing that she said. And then it turns out that his little daughter that he thought was comp- obsessive compulsive had been leaving water all over the house and no one knew why. And his brother, who used to be a baseball champ, right? Right. And everything has led up to a moment he where... Because da, 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 you know. And it all leads up to this Rube Goldberg moment of swinging away and the glasses will hit the water and water is the one thing that the aliens are all over. It's not a bad twist, 
but it's certainly not at the level of profundity that I thought that ending was reaching for. I do like, honestly, you know, if I yeah. had, I saw Goosebump now. Yeah. Um, I really like the swing away moment. I do too. I don't, I don't I dislike that, that moment. I a part of that. Of the. The like, their death scene. Yeah. Was like, we're going to die. Swing away. Do the best you can. Yeah. But we're probably this. Probably oh, not it. the water left everywhere, but just no. the. Just that thing where it's yeah. like. That's that it had some away. meaning. That right. it had some meaning. I would change it maybe from swing away to something else if I was doing it. But even just I love, I love yeah. the idea too that it's like you know what like all we can do is live our life and then yeah when it comes to an end hope that there's something better which is sort of like yeah swing away like that's the idea is like you know what you get whatever pitches you can get and you just swing at them. I do have a I do have a yearning to do a fan edit of of signs that ends with my version of the what I thought was going to be the ending simply because I was like it takes guts to end a movie with a family about to including little kids about to die yeah and this unknowable fear but I really like I can't tell you how much I and the CGI alien was definitely part of it for me that right. like I thought we were going for something real and it said and then it like shoots gas out of its finger and it's like yeah what is happening yeah I mean, I don't understand what... And also, why would the alien, like, take a kid hostage? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if it's really, truly an alien like that, that's, like, clawing at the wall, trying to get in. It's like, why is its, it's fir- not going to, like... Why is its first move a classic movie cliche, what a right. human would do? Right. Uh, and the thing is, because I, 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 I want to try to balance this, because I feel like everybody shits on M. Night now in terms of... And some of that is hubris. I don't know right. if you read the book that came out with Lady in the... Water. It's a tough read because it's a very kind of self-aggrandizing sort of. uh, It's a a, a forgotten book now, but it was like notorious when it came out for him, like talking about like his vision and stuff like that. I am surprised. uh, What was the one he made with Mark Wahlberg? Looked Uh, like it was going to be great. The The happening. The happening. Where the point? Yeah. The weird thing to me. uh, It's the plants. I thought they were our friends. Um, the, uh, it's weird to me. I never saw the last Airbender movie and there's probably been movies since then that you made that I haven't seen. I haven't kept up, but I do believe that Unbreakable and also flawed as they are signs in the village, like there's real filmmaking chops there. Like real, like he knows what he's doing. But don't you feel like, like I felt like there was a point where, I mean, I think he's, I think he is extremely talented filmmaker. Yeah. I think he's just, and maybe, and I, I probably wouldn't equate this to him, Yeah, but missteps have happened in a lot of his films that feel like... Trying to meet expectations for what his films have to be sometimes, I think. That, and to me, a lot of it could be like executive notes or... Yeah. Like this. It's like... Because I think he is, knows, at his core, a great filmmaker. He knows what he's doing. I mean, if you watch Unbreakable, from start to finish, like, that is a well-rendered movie. And Sixth Sense. And the first fucking 90 minutes of uh, Signs. And I would say almost all of The Village. Like, The Village has its problems, but, like... like I would say, I think Signs does a better job of setting up the alien thing than maybe Close Encounter of the Third Kind does. Yeah, all the, and it's funny too. There's lots of good jokes in Science too. Yeah, uh, 
that sadness that that is deep in the core of science of just like this town and this family and they're waiting and you know I mean the scene where they're eating dinner yeah and he starts yelling at everyone that that's a great 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 scene I would say signs in the village while being and when like the kid must turn on the TV and he's like turn off the TV like yeah we're not gonna watch the, it's like that's it's so palpable it's yeah so... it is it'd be a good double bill with close encounters yeah um the but signs in the village for all the things that are wrong with them I'd rather watch them than some movies that are slightly better but less audacious or something. you know like right. like even just like there's moments like the moment that happens like there's an there's like surprises that happen within the village right. within the course of it that are so well done like just such good filmmaking I think he's really good at creating creating playing with scenic tension and expectation, right? Yeah, and so, he gets good work out of actors, too. That's why I think The Happening felt weird to me. If, well, it was I, the first, I think Wahlberg was a miscast, though. Maybe. I mean, Wahlberg can be great, though. I know, but I think it was a miscast role for him. I think yeah. it required certain tools. That he like, if Matt Damon was the lead role in The Happening, that movie works better. Yes. Because, like, there's that, there's that one scene where he's, like, talking to the plant and trying to be a plastic plant. He's like, look at me, I'm talking to a plastic plant. Yeah, and like he's—he just doesn't. You can just tell. It's not that he's a bad actor, but he's just not equipped for that. Yeah, moment. It's kind of like um, Matt Damon has a rare quality as an actor, which is—I mean, Matt Damon himself isn't a scientist, but if when Matt Damon plays a scientist, Tom Cruise isn't that happening. Yeah, and he had to run. But but uh, Matt Damon is one of the best actors at projecting intelligence, even about things that like you know maybe that Matt Damon hasn't actually studied this. Right. Uh, like when Matt Damon, Matt Damon's not a math genius, but when he plays the character in Goodwill Hunting, I buy that he's a math genius. Right. Whereas uh, there's a lot of very good actors that can't pull that off. It's a hard thing to give the impression of, you know? Right. Um, Can I show you something? Yeah, what is it? This, I wonder if it's been changed. Mm-hmm. But at the height of all the weird Scientology stuff and the anti yeah. Tom Cruise. I didn't know, right now, J.D. is showing me... Well, hey, let me tell you that, so basically, at the height of all the anti-Tom Cruise stuff, where everyone was like, this guy's a weird, right? When yeah. the Oprah stuff happened, yeah. all that stuff. I believe his PR company put online a website that is TomCruise.com. Yeah. And at the time, all it was, was a front page that had a, a an acting reel for Tom Cruise. Uh-huh. And... Acting reels, for those of you who are... For actors who need work. Not in the know, or for actors that need work, and usually are people at the beginning of their career, sort of culling together the little odds and ends they have to show that they have some talent. Yeah. Very rarely do you get to see an acting reel of someone who is a well-established actor. Mm-hmm. And so, Tom Cruise had on his site... Oh, yeah, we have to post... Someone wants... Uh, do you see that, the tweet, that someone wanted us to create a Tumblr? Yeah. That they could post along... That like you could post that would go along with yeah this stuff. So yeah, basically if you go to the twelve hour day Tumblr, which I believe is twelve hour day if you want to watch along some of the stuff that we are talking about. Yeah, Connor will be taking photos throughout the day. We'll post those. But so it's a reel of Tom Cruise's stuff, and we'll watch it, and then I'll pose you a question that has always thought up that I think I posed probably on another episode, but this has more context to it now. This is the Tom Cruise reel that we're watching. 
Yeah. So it's got a clip from Top Gun of the beginning, some eyes wide shut, uh, color and, money. And it's like this rousing. Yeah, it's an impressive reel. It's this rousing some music. Mission Impossible 3 there. Uh, Oblivion, Rain Man. We're really spanning the like time, going back and forth. In the sky, uh, uh, Mission Impossible, The Last Samurai, Jerry Maguire, A Few Good Men. Uh, oh, what's that? I don't. Oh, uh, that's on that Rock of yeah. Ages. Uh, Mission Impossible uh, Two. Man, the opening of that movie is splendid. Yeah. Uh, that. All the way back to Taps. Now he's got the rights to play uh, a Rolling Stones song on his reel because yeah. they're playing uh, uh, Sympathy for the Devil. Why is, why is Sympathy for the Devil the song that he's playing in his uh, reel? It's a badass song. I mean, it's a great song, but thematically it's weird. Yeah. Okay. Top Gun. Yeah. I mean, this is a long reel. This is an 11-minute reel. Yeah. I mean, it's a nice trip down memory lane. But also, as you watch this, it's just like the best of dramatic scenes. Yeah. There's all those moments. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on this, JD? Can you think of an actor uh-huh. that has a more eclectic and interesting reel were there to be one cut of their work than Tom Cruise? Um, Is there a reel that could be better than Tom Cruise's acting reel? It's hard to say. Um, I would say there are some... That you you could create something, but you'd have to eliminate it. Like he's pretty well rep. He's not leaving a lot out. Right, but who name someone that well, you think could have a reel that has as many different flavors to it, and and as much like, oh man, I remember that moment. I mean, the first person that pops to mind is Bruce Willis, simply because it's not. I'm not saying it okay. matches it, but you've got things like Die Hard, you've got funny stuff like Moonlighting, you've got. Pulp Fiction, you've got uh, occasionally weird little comedy roles and things like that. You've got big yeah. uh, Armageddon-type clips. Um, he's got a pretty good range of stuff. The thing with Bruce Willis is you have to eliminate, like, 60%. Like, you don't want a clip from Breakfast of Champions or something. Like, right. you've but got to eliminate a lot of bombs. That his characters in a lot of those are very similar behaving, whereas Tom it's true. goes from being these, like, Trippy little guy to these yeah. big action heroes to these like serious, you know, it's like, yeah, this person that I was thinking of mm-hmm. that I've always thought could rival because at first I'm like, 
I mean, and also, also think he Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep, obviously. Meryl Streep. The thing he might also is not only are these supposed to, moments that are good and impressive, but moments that are famous moments in film. Yes. Him yelling, you know, I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Yeah. Cut, cut, you know, cut to Top Gun, cut to Mission Impossible, like all these yeah. moments that are like moments in cinema now. Uh, I mean, I was like, well, Tom Hanks isn't, but he's playing very similar versions. Yeah, and I and I think Tom Hanks. I think the best Tom Hanks performances are in his own voice, and he he has a varied thing. But I personally don't think there's as much affection for the right. way he is in the terminal as there is for the way he is when he uses his own accent and his own voice. So one person came to mind, Tim Curry. Uh huh. He would have an insane reel. He'd have an insane reel. It wouldn't reach the the scope of Tom no. Cruise's, but. Like yeah. In terms of variance, yeah. you'd have something from Legend and then something from Rocky Horror next to you. Know I mean, that's yeah. like such a crazy... That would be like a more of a cult level version of that, though. Right. Uh, I was, when I, the reason Bruce Willis is because I was trying to match in terms of like height, famous yeah. big I movies. Meryl Streep is good. Meryl Streep's good. She wouldn't have the kind of action that you have in this. Yeah. There are fewer crane shots of Meryl Streep in action. Hers tend to be... Close-ups yeah. of the acting. But that's why I feel like Tom Cruise is like almost a quintessential acting reel. Well, Tom Cruise has been smart from the beginning because very early on he started being like, "I want to be in a Scorsese film. I want to be in a you know, like." He started lining up to work with people. Uh, you know, when Boogie Nights comes out, he's like, "I want to be in your next movie." Right. Uh, when uh, uh, you know he'll do things like. Uh, didn't he work with the filmmaker who made like Narc? I'm trying to think of like different like yeah. he he's got his eye still on out on the lookout for new talent. Right. Um, I would say Tropic Thunder. Yeah, I would say. I mean, obviously, uh, it is a sign of that Tom Cruise is playing with heavyweights. That like you could do it for De Niro and Pacino. Yes, De Niro and Pacino would be good, but De Niro again. He's playing less types of roles. I would say De Niro's range is comparable to Cruise because if you put King of Comedy alongside Raging Bull and uh, Meet the Parents and... Uh, I thought of one. What? I thought of one that might rival Comedy. Okay. Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. What I would say... The reason I think, I think of De Niro before I think of Hoffman in that you have action movies like Ronan. Yes. You have action right. movies. You don't... Other than like Marathon Man, you have fewer action moments with Dustin Hoffman. Well, yeah. <laughs> but that's such a great acting role thing of him being this like yeah, well, pirate. Dustin Hoffman, uh, you know, Pacino, you know, Pacino and De Niro had the more long-lasting classic movies from the 70s. But for my money, I always thought Dustin Hoffman was such a, a workhorse of just like one after another amazing uh, movies in the 70s. Uh, he played Lenny Bruce. He did Straw Dogs. He did Marathon Man. Yeah. He did Straight Time. Like he was in all these ama- Midnight Cowboy. All these amazing movies in the seventies, and then right at the top of the eighties, like that moment in the early eighties, Dustin Hoffman was just like everyone else. Forget about it. Like I'm the guy right now. Yeah. Tootsie and Kramer versus Kramer is one of the best back-to-back mainstream actor triumphs right. that he does. Tootsie, one of the greatest movie comedies of all time, and he, as you know, he's a funny actor, right. but he's not a comedian per se. Right. And yet, that is like one of like the gutsiest, funniest comedy movie performances. 
And that movie itself is just filled with great funny people. Right. Great comic performances. And to have that and Kramer versus Kramer, like those back-to-back were... Kramer versus Kramer, I think some people look at it now as a very kind of like movie, movie of the week sort of like... Right. But just the pure... Just you want to see pure, great Dustin Hoffman acting in that movie. Right. Have you seen, you've seen Kramer vs. Kramer, right? Uh, yes. You remember the two the breakfast scenes in that movie? Yes. Those, there's a breakfast scene early in the movie where he's suddenly trying to make breakfast for his little boy. And he's not, he hasn't been the parent who's doing that. And he gets annoyed with his son in a way that feels right. like one of the truest parenting moments right. that you could get. Where it's like... You lose it in front of your little kid who does not deserve it. Right. Uh, and also that scene where the little kid uh, won't eat the food and then goes to eat the ice cream. Uh, are we going to head to the store for supplies? Yeah, my car got moved at five fifteen. All right. Let's go get some supplies. Um, also, show you this one last thing. All right. This is this guy. I wrote a post about this. His name's Keys Van De How you, How would you pronounce this last name? Uh, what's his name? Keys Van Dijkusen. 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 Junior. Is this guy who he does? Um, he makes uh, reels uh-huh. for directors. Yeah. I wrote a little post online about it. You can find about how watching these sort of makes me feel like what's going to be in your what's going to be in your reel what's the thing people are going to remember yeah. of your stuff and that everything we do is yeah in addition to that reel right but I love seeing a directing reel for like here's Tim Burton's reel oh and he just makes reels yes Yeah. All the great Tim Burton movies. Yeah. Not a title. How many filmmakers has he done this for? Uh, a bunch. I want to say like ten, maybe. Yeah. But they're really. I mean, they're very well done. I will say. Like there's like Wes Anderson and all this stuff. And it's really interesting to see. What, what music does he use for the Wes Anderson one? Let's see. Um. Should we take the shortcut or the scenic route? Let's take the shortcut. Oh, the scenic route is so much prettier. Okay, let's take the scenic route. It's actually slightly quicker anyway. I will say uh, for the films of... If I was making a films of, of uh, Tim Burton reel... Yeah. It would be on. The, it would be a little on the nose, but I would not be able to resist the the music that I you, the Danny Elfman that you would put with it would be the iconic, uh, and he's gotten away from it in recent years. But there was that solid decade where every Danny Elfman like core Danny Elfman thing yeah. had la 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 la. It had that. I think that goes. It probably comes in at some point, right? But to me, I, I miss that. I really do. I'm sure there was a point where Danny Elfman was just like, ah, I can't keep doing this. Yeah. You know, you get bored, you want to do something new. But there was that classic Burton Elfman period. Right. Even as he started branching into blockbusters like Batman, one of the things that was so much fun about the first Batman when it came out uh, 
one of the things that was so much fun when that first Batman went out, even though there was a part of me that knew that this maybe wouldn't age as well as other Dan, other Burton movies. Right. I just love that, like, oh, Warner Brothers let you do a Batman movie, and you still have Danny Elfman doing the music, and it still kind of feels like it's not a world away from the music that's in Beetlejuice. This thing? Mm-hmm. I've had to very like yeah. sing something. It has that and it has the same la 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 It has I love that stuff. Um Yeah. Yeah, but thinking of actors with acting reels like that, like um Yeah, I mean Tom Cruise has always just been so sharp about that. he definitely is because I think even Tom Cruise would probably admit that he's an example of someone who is a very good actor, but there are other actors who are, like, he's, there, there are a lot of actors who are more naturally gifted or more naturally skilled as actors right. than him. But his, his sense of raw determination to be good it almost feels like the type of thing where it's like, well, I'm not as naturally good at with numbers, but I've worked so hard right. that I can I can play in the big leagues with people who have a an automatic gift for it. Exactly. You know, like I think everyone would probably agree that like Daniel Day Lewis has more natural genius as an actor than Tom Cruise. Right. He is. He, it's just built into him that he's right. a gr- he's great in a way that defies understanding. Yes, I agree with that. And but Tom Cruise is like a guy oh, who no. what's happened? What's happened? Oh no! What's happened? I think my battery's been dead for a long time. Oh no! How long? A long time. So it's just been me talking. I think so. Oh. We have no way of checking, right? I could stop and rewind and check. I mean, what would we gain from it? Nothing, right? Well, we would know if we had to take a, a, any sort of additive effort. Well, we know my battery, battery's working, right? Yes. Worst case scenario, we just loop your, we dub your, you can dub your stuff into the silences. Right. Oh, fucking Christ, that happened so quickly. Mm. Well, I mean, we've been talking for a couple of hours. Yeah. That's a real bummer. I also have to go through. Ah, uh, goddamn. Ah, fuck. This really ruined it, hasn't it? It sort of has. Is it worth even continuing this episode? I can't go till three in the morning. I, I have know, to be I up know, at I six. Know, I know, I know, I know. Um, How much would you be spilling onto my mic? I think a good amount. We've God. been in a controlled audio atmosphere. Yeah, it would. I mean, it's going to mean... I don't have any batteries also right now. Well, we're going to go to B&H. We can get batteries there, right? We can get batteries before then. All right. Oh, wait. Actually, I probably have two. I mean, this is, this is a tough time. at 12-hour day right now, listeners. What you're hearing, in case you didn't hear what he said, JD just realized that his battery's been dead for a long time. So I don't know if... Maybe we've remedied it, and up to now you're like, what's the problem? This podcast has been fine. 
Uh, or even like the last hour has just been Connor with certain gaps of silence. That really frustrates me. Damn it. And now, for long-time listeners and viewers, JD is now in one of his classic bad moods during the recording of an episode. Well, it's just frustrating. I know. Because it could have been so fucking fine. Yeah. I wonder how long that had been. We'll find out tomorrow. Um, Damn it. Okay, well, now I'm in a shitty mood, and I don't want to do a podcast anymore. Let's all go home. We're, you already are home, J.D. Okay. Um, uh, we'll go get some batteries at the corner shop. Unless, no, you don't need them now, because you just put fresh no, ones in, right? No, we should get them. Well, well can we get them at B&H? We can, but the, I just... I worry that I'm going to run out on this end. With no, those I fresh ones? Fine. I feel like we can make it to B&H on a I know, set but, of batteries. Uh, yeah, okay. It's more complicated. I don't understand the way things work in the recording of this. Yeah. Um, we'll be fine, but that's just so frustrating. Damn it. I, you know what? Did I, did, I probably did a lot of talking, too. Damn. Yeah, you just did talking. I might have to dub over. If you dub over, then it'll just be... I might dub over what I just did, and then put a little note in the middle of it. It's like, I'm about to dub over a lot of the things that I say. Yeah. Um, but, but keep insane. all my things live. Right, exactly. So it still is the 12-hour day. Listeners, uh, let me explain. JD may have already explained this before, but JD's just discovered this battery problem. And what it's going to mean oh, is... This is so frustrating. Uh, you've, you've still had a 12-hour day with JD and Connor. Uh, with real emotions that happen raw and in real time. Uh, and, but, and everything I've said has been captured... Uh, we assume, and yes. uh, if you're hearing this, it certainly has been. And JD may have gone back and looped in uh, new things that he said uh, over the the gaps where his microphone failed him and did not record him. But now we're going to go out into the world. JD's uh, business phone call has been moved back a half hour because we were going to head to the Staten Island Ferry. Now, now we may head maybe after the business meeting for a little while. Yeah, I think we might do after, and then we might head back into um, So, uh, JD, how's this for a game plan going forward? We'll go B&H. We'll get some technical things that we need. Right. Um, I can pay for whatever we need at B&H since you've I'll make you've you pay got, for the batteries. Yeah, since you've got money wor- temporary money woes, money, money worries... Well, also, and you've I've, also provided everything up to now. And I have to, I have to pay for all of our uh, bandwidth. I'll pay. I'll contribute to some of that. No, but by, by buying the batteries, you offset that. All right. And um, then I say I think we should head down at least toward the area where we're near the Staten Island Ferry and find a good, quiet place for you to have your business meeting, right? Yes, I think that's a good plan. And then when your business meeting's over, we'll get on that Staten Island Ferry. Um, I think I'd like us to be able to be on there long enough that uh, there's the possible, there's the potential of a person on Twitter saying, "Hey, JD and Connor are on the Staten Island Fair, let's go see him." Okay. I don't know whether that'll happen. We can also tweet that out and be like, "We're going to go to the Staten Island Ferry at this time. Ride with us." Yeah. Um, the um, I feel like um, that really annoys me at the battery, though. I know. I hope that was not a long Maybe time. it was just a few minutes. Maybe. I, I bet it was like 20 minutes, though. Yeah. 
The important thing is we're still friends. Oh, God, what if this is the thing that leads to the murder? Um, it could be. It might very well be. It could be. Um, also, I'm gonna, I was going to show you, I have my childhood movies. Oh. No, I'm not in a, I don't want to watch them now. Yeah, let's, not, let's save those for a later episode. But there's a view of J.D. Hunt's. Remember, remember when he said that I did the West Side Story and you wanted to see that? Yeah. This is that. What character are you? Action. There's a character named Action in West Side Story? There is. And he causes all the trouble. He's a ruffian. What, was he a jet or a shark? He's a jet. Well, because when you're a jet, jet you're a jet, jet all the way. way. When you're first you're first time day. Boy, you're a man, little man. All right, let's go. Hey. God, I'm JD. frustrated about that. Hey, JD. No, because the fans are not going to like it. It's going to be hard to listen to. Cool. JD. I don't want to stay cool. I'm not going to be a part of this conversation. Um. Well, I bet this. I bet it only gets more fun from here, JD. What's that? I bet it only gets more fun from this point on. Maybe. You've gone to a dark place. I have. Well, I'm just so frustrated because you know, if something gets messed up at hour seven, I feel like our audience sort of deal with it. Yeah. But if it gets messed up, there's a period of time that I like to call like the normal podcast period, where it's like within the first hour and a half of the podcast, it's the same amount of time as a normal podcast. Yeah. So if something gets messed up during then. You're, we're, we're going below the, the standard of, of standard. normal podcast. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, I don't think it will happen in the first hour. I think it might. If it did, it might have. Well, I've still been dominating the talking so far because you've been doing a lot of invoice work. That's true. You know, uh, I still think we're on solid ground. And the fact of the matter is, the fact that it went wrong earlier, I think bodes well for things not going wrong in the rest of the podcast. Maybe. Or maybe this is going to be a disastrous podcast day. JD, I'll remind you this. You no. ended up being pretty satisfied with episode three. Right. But and that, I'm even accounting for that. Oh, yeah, but I feel like you've, you always feel like you're accounting for it. And then later on when you're... I, I feel like you're not even accounting enough for it. You think you're accounting enough for it. Right. But you ended up satisfied with the last episode except for the fact that you weren't thrilled with the fact that you kept saying it was a bad episode as it was happening. Okay. You know? Maybe this will be all right. Uh, oh, man. Did you get a lot of feedback from listeners saying they really liked when you said you thought the episode was being going badly? Uh, Is that why you're doing this? That, that, are you responding to direct feedback that fans liked that? No. Because I don't feel like that was a popular fan segment. Is when this a backwards saying of... <laughs> way of saying stop talking about this yeah. because people don't like you talking about how I don't I feel like our fan base but this is, is different this is a technical thing if they couldn't hear me for the past hour they won't have liked that but you know here's the thing we were also talking about the ephemeral nature of improv and the fact is <laughs> I the, let's say they haven't been able to hear you for the last hour I've heard you for the last hour and I'm changed for that experience I the, the Connor that they're listening to now is the Connor who's heard what you've said for the last hour. So the seeds uh, that have been planted by what you said are bearing fruit in, my, in the way I am now and the way you are now. You're changed and you're different because of those experiences. I guess. 
and now we're heading out into the world. Uh, we've long, we've, we've been out of JD's apartment for the last minute or so, and we're walking towards the train. He's got his little bag of tricks, and I've got mine. I've got a very small bag of tricks. Yeah. Um, and we're going to head in and buy some technical equipment. Yep. And then we're going to head southward. Um, well, right now we're walking past the Euro Market. Well, we're not quite past it yet. We're, we're about to. Up on it. Uh, we're coming up on the Euro Market. Fine European foods. Uh, if you ever find yourself in Astoria, check them out. Uh, they have a selection of the worst beverages that have ever been available for sale. But with the most interesting names and logos. That's right. Uh, Is there any... No. There's no There's no boogie party out front anymore. No. It, I, that's a seasonal drink. Yeah. Um... Should we just say... What? Yeah, because we'll have changed it before right. then, right? Uh, that the password was Boogie Party. Yeah, based on the popular Flintstones-based uh, beverage, Boogie Party. It was Boogie Party plus something. Some, a little something else. A little something else that we mentioned uh, that one of you was able to figure out. We still need to change that password. Well, not by the time this airs. Don't, don't release this podcast until we change the password. I'm saying we should change it during the podcast. Oh, yeah, but no clues. No more clues, people. Well, you're the one that gave away the clue that... Yeah. Well, I, like, I'm on like, record as being... I don't have the best memory of what we've said. I never remember. I'm amazed uh, the number of times that people reference something to me. And, well, like, here, I'll say this. Uh, someone recently uh, mentioned on Twitter that... Uh, it sounds like I hated England. And I was like, what did I say that indicated that I hate England? Right. I lived in England for five years. And I did not hate England. And uh, my friend Jeff Falzone pointed out that I think the main thing that 12 Heads, listeners of 12 Hour Day, uh, would have been familiar with, the main thing I had told on the podcast was my story of getting mugged in England. Right. So I think... Just based on only telling that one story, which was, that was something that happened. I'd only lived in England for a few months, and I was very uh, nervous about living there, and then all of a sudden, I found myself at the mercy of a pair of knife-wielding hoodlums. Right. Uh, I, I guess only telling that story colored potentially listeners' uh, interpretation. But I will say this. Uh, I lived in Liverpool for a few years. I lived in London for a few years. And uh, I really liked it. I haven't been back in a long time. Although I feel like... I feel like there will come a point where I maybe have an opportunity to do some improv in London, maybe. I always feel like that's a possibility bubbling on the horizon. I know that the UCB 4 have talks publicly, I think, about no, no, no plans perhaps, but I think maybe the, the flirting with the wish or the, the, the possibility of 
Uh, I think someone had asked, like, would UCB ever open, uh, since they have theaters in New York and L.A., would they ever open one in Chicago? Right. And I think the answer that I read somewhere was that they probably wouldn't do one in Chicago because Chicago already has, like, that's where the improv scene originally grew out of, and there really isn't a place for it. They would be more likely to expand to London. Right. I would love that. But also the difficulties of starting an international business... Yeah, maybe a much, probably preclude that happening. Right, that's a much higher cost, and it takes much more effort than it does to start a, a domestic one. Yeah, but I do feel like it's possible. I do feel like they could maybe there could be a point where another there could be like a co venture with a, a company in England or something, you know? Yeah, but that's uh, do we really want that? The theater's already gotten so big and so watered down by its size that do we really want to engage in co ventures with companies to start international branches of this? Well, it wouldn't be you and I doing it, JD. We would just find out that there are opportunities to do comedy in England. That would be fun. I know, but it's just it's getting so big as it is. Yeah, but, you know, everything's getting big. You can't be too curmudgeonly about it. Yes. Things change, and we have to move on and accept those changes sometimes. I'm as sentimental as the next guy, and probably more. Um, but I could definitely see there being an opportunity for me to do something uh, in England. Uh, and I mean, man, when I so I moved to England in uh, very end of '95, beginning of '96 was when I was moving there. And I lived in Liverpool for a few years, and I really liked that. Even though I was scared a lot of the time I was in England. Once I got mugged, I was sort of traumatized, so I was right. always scared of Liverpool. Uh, but then living in London, you know, it was a real great opportunity. I got to see Elvis Costello in concert a bunch of times. Uh, and it always felt good to see him in concert in England. Right. At that time was a really, it was a really great time to be there because he was doing a lot of stuff. And there are concerts that happened that I only would have gotten to see. They weren't like world tours. They were like specific English things. And then when I moved back to America... It sort of coincided with there's a point at which he stopped living in Ireland and then therefore he stopped doing as much in England. Like, I feel like the, the decade plus I've been in New York, he's actually lived in New York for a lot of that time, so I've actually been in... I always feel like I've been in the right place for where Costello stuff is happening. Right. Because uh, if, if you... There were literally, in the past decade, there were times when he didn't tour England at all and even said even said some things about maybe never touring in England again. Right. So I always feel like uh, I timed it right in terms of that. Uh, but it was also like England was a really great place to do theater and London was a really great town to live in. Yeah. There's a part of me that always thinks, I wonder if the opportunity would ever come up again to work and live in London. Mm. I feel like that would be nice to do in some, I don't think I would ever settle over there permanently again, but uh, I feel like there'd be a, a part of me that would wouldn't mind being in some sort of circumstances where a few right. months out of every year I'd be working in London, right? Uh, or even half a year or something, you know. Uh, That's interesting. Uh, 
Uh, not at the moment, no. I mean, there are people that I would know from school, but not people I've been in touch with for a while. That might be kind of sad. Uh, I don't know. I feel like if I was doing work, and it, if I was with a group of people and we were doing right. stuff, you'd meet people, and it would be it would be fine. Like if, if, have you taught at all? Have I what? Have you done any improv? No, you're not a teacher in improv. No. I've never taught improv. I think if I wanted to, I think I, I'm at a position in UCB where I could probably start setting the wheels in motion to become a teacher there. Right. But I've always felt a little bit hesitant about it because for me... UCB has been such an important place for me and it feels like my creative home that I I feel like it would change it for me if it suddenly was like the place where I was like your job also. yeah uh, I feel like it would change my feeling towards it and I know right. a lot of people like working there is a dream and it's like part of their success at UCB is becoming a teacher and having students and you know, being that part of the system. Right. I think I've always just been a little bit reluctant and, and wanting to avoid it. I can see that. Because there are elements of, I mean, you had me as a coach for a little while when I was yes. coaching Jump on 3. I feel like there's some things that I'm good at and then other things I would not be as good at. But that's true of literally everything in the world. It's true. It doesn't make it less true about me, though. JD is fixing the buttons on his uh, battery pack. And he's concerned because things have already gone a little bit haywire today. I can tell he does not want another thing to go wrong. Yeah, I don't. Um, what's annoying me is that the light will go off on your log. Uh-huh. The low battery light? No, the display light. Oh. I'm going to Google it real quick. Find out what's happening. Find out what's going on. Right now we are on the uh, Q train at 39th Avenue. This is 39th Avenue. sitting the kind of train we're in for those of you who listened to the first part of this episode uh, we're on the blue smoothies uh, oh yeah the, we're on the blue smoothies and Connor is currently I'm sitting in the throw up seat and you're sitting in the seat where you would get splattered right but Connor is currently sitting in the middle of the blue smoothie in a way that would stop someone from being third no it wouldn't stop someone from sitting here I guess not you're sitting a little wide yeah but my whiteness is just compensating for your slenderness and also the train is mostly yeah but you're a slim gym JD and I don't mind saying so where's your transmitter oh that's yours that you were looking at right yeah we just need to make we need to get batteries I got two bars left 
Yeah, but I don't trust Once them. bitten, twice shy, right? Exactly. Um, it's coming through loud and clear on your uh, Sennheisers, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, well, I'm... Oh, man. What? Nothing that just bummed me out. The whole not recording part of it process. Yeah. Well, hopefully it was, maybe it was just 30 seconds. Maybe. Uh, I, maybe I you got a sense like a, like a, a mama bear and her cubs. Yeah, I stopped like, it would go through my head and I would not feel the frequencies. And I would know something was missed. Thing with the rod. Yeah. This is a pretty good setup, though. Yeah. I'm liking it. I think. Here, JD, why don't you have some organic gummy bears? I will. Although I need to eat food. Also. I know. I got some food. I don't need all these. Too many gummy bears. I just gave JD some gummy bears. I might have some too. Organic gummy bear seems like an impossible thing. Why? I don't feel like necessarily like afraid. Just means the ingredients are organic. These are good though. Hmm. Mm. Where do you want to get lunch? Wherever you want. Do you have any place in mind? No. Phoenix is a weird place. No, it's not, a, it's not located in a lunch district, is it? No. The food on the Staten Island Ferry? Is there a restaurant? I don't want to do that. What if there's a fancy restaurant? My guess is there's not. What if there was? Then we definitely do. We're about to go underneath the uh, East River. Also, it's funny about going to B&H. I feel like B&H is like my adult version of Epier Schwarz. Uh-huh. Like the joy that I get from being there like, around and stuff is similar to the joy a child would get. Yeah. Look at boys. These are really good going. I get them at my local organic market. Um, what side? I'll at, have to go there. At the, uh, at the, just at the counter, they have a lot of uh, little Zeblot bags of like dark chocolate covered almonds, right. things like that, yogurt covered raisins, and these are one of the things. I tried them once and I thought, oh, these are like better than the usual gummy bears. Yeah. Um, I've also got... You know bought, what we should do today? Well, we should tweet someone to come take a better photo of us. Let's do it. Because we don't have a good photo for... For the press. For our, for, for wired PR. That's probably the thing stopping us from getting an big wired piece. Well... So I was looking at this reflection of us in the window. Uh-huh. And it looks... It's very funny that we're both wearing these t-shirts. Want me to take it? What time... Yeah. What time on? 
what time do you think we'll be on the Staten Island Ferry? Hmm. I call it 515. How long do you think that meeting will last? Half hour? Yeah, probably less. I bet if we say meet at Staten Island Ferry at 530. So I'll also just give you a while. Yeah. That's the only problem is that we can't really, it'll be hard to have someone else talk, but that'll be fine. Right, yeah, I think 5.30. Sorry, yeah, I think 5.30. Four, five, six, and our... You got to work your 9 to 5, and I'll go to Staten Island Ferry. Taking Americana with... Oh. What? Right in Staten Island Ferry at 5.30 is going to be... Well, that wasn't my plan. What was your plan, Connor? That we get on Staten Island Ferry at 1 o'clock. Well, we can try to do B&H and then just get down there. Yeah. I mean, grab food somewhere quick. Yeah. And then be down there like 4.30. No, 5. What time your meeting is at 5.15, right? Yeah. I could ask that we take it from the Staten Island Ferry, right? It won't be bad reception. No, we're getting it from space. Yeah. Uh, Colin Quinlan, or from, yeah, believe how that name, sorry. That's okay. I didn't mean to. It's not a big deal. Uh, won't he respect you being on a Santa Ana Ferry? That's like a real thing. No, no, no one will be like, oh, impressive. You're writing public transportation. You're a man of the people. I don't think my problem is that people don't think I'm a man of the people. I don't think one of my career walls is that people think I'm, I'm too fancy. Yeah, but it doesn't help to shore up your bona fides. It doesn't hurt, that okay. is. That's true. Like, do we want to transfer or do you want to just go to 34th Street and walk? Uh, how long is the walk? Let's just walk it. Bunch of avenues, yeah. Yeah. It'll be funny too. I think it'll be funny talking to you with me and Asian being like, well, we're recording this podcast right now. Yeah. Here can we get to improve this. We should look at the carrying cases they have. All right. Not to get one, but just to see what our lives could be like. All right, I'm going to tweet out about the sound on Ferry. Around five. That's my guess. You think there's people that work Scott Island and live in Manhattan? Yeah. Uh, what's a good hashtag for it? Uh, SI Day. What? 12 hour ferry. Uh, Staten, Staten Island Day. 12 hour Staten Island. thinking. Um, you have to retype it now. Yeah. The, um, 
the official hashtag of today is going to be Tom Cruise. Yeah. Actually, here's an idea that we could do. If my audio goes out, it's a yeah. long time. Yeah, just play that reel. I might, no, I might create what's called the lost hour, which I explain what happens. Cut that out. Put it at the end of the podcast. Say that you can listen to it at the end. Yeah. Or you can just listen to it. You know what I mean? Like, put it at the end. Like, if you want to listen to something that's unlistenable, it'll be at the end of this podcast. It'll be unlistenable. It might be, because it might be me talking and whispering for a lot of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, put it at the end. Yeah, you can you can listen to that, but I'm not going to make you listen to that. Well, I feel like you could amp up your sound. Uh, it's tough, just because then you get background noise, and then I have to, like, edit everything. Oh, good yeah. Uh, okay. Did you just tweet it, try to tweet it again, I said? I almost did, but then, hold on. Some, some ways you can do it. Times Square is one, 57 is not. I'm close. We sh- we need to submit like a podcast festival. Yeah, it'd be so funny. I'm all about. I I would love to be able to do a live one somewhere. I said that's such a funny idea. Um, well, I in a a year from now, if depending on if the podcast is where it's at, I actually think that 12 Hour Day would be perfect for DCM uh, at one of the smaller venues if we could just have a 12 hour block uh, what's the Chris uh, oh my god why am I playing Chris's last name uh, DeBerg currently dating Nicole Dresswell Chris. Scott Chris, Chris Scott. Scott jeez that was weird that was weird that I I've done that too I had that I've had that recently with a couple of different names that I should that I do know Right. And then you just, it's terrifying when your brain won't allow you access to your information. Yeah. Chris Scott just posted something online that was like, hey, I'm now going to start a project where I want to listen to at least one episode of all of my friends' podcasts. Who has a podcast? And I was laughing. I didn't post it, but I wanted to be like, yeah, just listen to one episode of ours at least. And it's like, that's, Do it. that's such a commitment. You should post that. I'm going to post that if you direct me to where he said that. It's on Facebook somewhere. All right. Um, Did it go through? Yeah, it went through. What? Oh, the hashtag. No, right below it. No, but uh, the hashtag only, I put the space in my accent, so the hashtag is just Tom. Hashtag <laughs> Tom. <laughs> okay, from now on, the official hashtag today is hashtag Tom. But then type cruise out, space yeah. and then cruise. But I was saying below it. We got Wired, Summer Guide. Yeah. Is uh, binge watching Arrested Development. Do you have like a Google alert for Arrested Development? No. No. That's just literally, I followed a bunch of Wired editors. But it's weird that Wired is talking about something that Wired's been the first 30 minutes talking about. If you just follow a bunch of Wired editors, they keyed into what they like so you can figure out whether or not they're going to... No, no, no. I did it so that they would be aware. They'd see that we were following. 
I followed it oh, through Bob Arden. Sometimes history needs a nudge. <laughs> I did that the other day. I, followed, I went through a bunch of wired editors and writers and contributors, and I followed them from 12 hour day. <laughs> That's the most... I, I love how you're obsessed with wired. Because it's not like wired, it's like... Someone recently asked me, because I brought that up, I was like, yeah, Connor's obsessed with getting this wired reviews. They're like, does wired do podcast reviews? And I was like, I don't think so. But they he's do. like, then why does Connor think that they're going to do it for this? And I was like, I actually don't know. I don't know why he's obsessed with that. Um, yeah, I don't know if they do. <laughs> but I have it in my head that it makes sense that they would do it. I want to send out, I want to send out emails too to all of them be like, hey, here's a story for you. <laughs> oh, uh, Riley's on the phone? Hold him up to the microphone. <laughs> it's not going to work. Yeah, it will. Hold him right up to it. Hey, Riley, I'm on the subway right now. Can I call you right when I get off? Hey, Riley. Uh, I think it already went away. Okay. Um, if you hold him right up to your microphone, you'll be able to hear if it's coming through. Not or not. on a subway train. There's so much noise already. We're getting off here anyways. In your mind, but you'll have your Sennheisers on. What? You'll have your Sennheisers on. What did you say? You'll have your Sennheisers on, so that will block out the noise. That's not... What are you talking about? You're saying the fact that I'm wearing headphones will mean that the microphones will be less sensitive to the noise around? No, you won't hear the double noise of the subway. You'll only hear what the mic's picking up, and the loudest thing will be the thing holding right in front of it. Oh, you're saying for me to be able to hear it. Yeah. I'm saying for the microphone to pick it up. It's going to be overwhelmed by the background. Maybe, maybe not. No, it will. It's yeah. not maybe. Maybe, maybe not. That's not the case. Maybe, maybe not. Those are the two possibilities. Um, oh, no. What? At BNH, they have like a no bags rule. Oh, no. This will be fine. Can I come in? Yeah, you'll, have to, you'll probably have to give me your bag, though. But it's got my stuff in it. Right, but you take off the stuff in it. I'll just... Yeah. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. All right. Uh, no, this one. All right. We're now in the 34th Street subway station. It is notoriously famously. the hottest place in New York City. Famously, like, famously warm. When summer is hot, all of the heat stays here. And even when it cools out, down a little bit outside in the real world, the 34th Street subway station remains out. It just trapped all the heat of the summer. Um, it's a famously warm, famously uncomfortable subway station that many people refer to as Hell Station. Hell Station population, New York. I yeah. That one up. It does feel like if we were in Ghostbusters 2, this would be the where the uh, all the negative energy would be. Yes. Absolutely. Oh, I hate even walking through this station. Uh, but you can hear the sounds of the music of New York City. That is... Uh, a man playing a guitar, and he has, uh, he's a solo act, 
he's just he's just shredding that guitar. Oh my god. Here I go. I'm a little bit behind JD, so I don't know if he's talking or not. I'm not. Alright. Connor doesn't know, but I'm not talking. I know he just said something, but I can't hear him. He can't hear me, but I can hear him. Now, uh, we're leaving the subway station. The first thing I see is a sign that says, Diamonds and Dials, liquidation sale, going out of business. Out of business. So, you want to buy jewelry or watches seven days from the day of this recording. They're in the last seven days. Now, I don't know if this is the first of the last seven days. If you're waiting in line at DCM and you want to get some diamonds or, or watch, some dials or some dials as we call watches that are fancy. Uh, do you have a dial on you? I'd like to know the time of day. Position of not space. Alright, well this is the first moment of this episode in which J.D. and I are on the streets of Manhattan. Right now we're walking past R.H. Macy and Company, otherwise known as Macy's. And to my left, the T-Mobile Store, the fastest nationwide 4G LTE network available. Right. My pants are falling down a bit. Your pants are falling down, J.D.? Just a bit. I'm gonna that kind my... of comedy doesn't work on a podcast. I'm going to my belt a single loop. Oh my God, Janie, you've lost weight since since the beginning of since this. the beginning of this podcast. The stress, the stress of realizing that my mic went out caused me to lose weight. Oh man, uh, do you need to call Riley back? Oh yeah, good point. Riley made his call at the wrong moment. We were in, the, we were under the ground. Right. We're under the earth. We are walking. Uh, long city blocks to get to B and H to buy, new, buy equipment to replenish our supplies. Hey, Riley, it's JD. Hey, sorry. Yeah, you called us when we were underground in the subway. We're heading to B and H right now because we have to pick up some equipment, and then we're gonna go to we're gonna eat some lunch and then go to Staten Island Ferry. What are you up to today? Mm. Oh, where, that's cool. Riley's doing something cool. Oh, thank you. That was, Riley says he's a longtime listener and a huge fan. He's excited that we're doing another one. Oh, good. Well, if you want to come hang on the Staten Island Ferry with us, you're more than welcome to. We're probably gonna we're probably gonna get there around Rush five five fifteen. Oh no worries, I just wanted to extend the invitation. Uh, until like one a.m. Yeah. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon, Riley. Bye. That was Riley just expressing his uh, excitement that we're doing another episode. Uh-huh. 
he going to come meet us? No, he has improv practice. Oh, is that what you said was cool? Subway. I went, oh, cool, that's no worries. No, he shot something for web series, now he's just chilling out. All right. Just chilling out and hanging, waiting for improv practice to come. That's one thing I don't miss. Improv practice? Yeah. I miss regular improv performing sometimes, but I've never missed improv practice. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I have to say, I don't regret any improv practices. They were great. But uh, there was a part of me, and it was sort of stunningly quick how it happened, but like um, the all of a sudden when I was on the Stepfathers, it was like, oh, now I don't have improv practices ever again. Right. And it's not entirely true in that I did for a while still, Secret Man Group still did practices. Right. Uh, for something. But, but but you never had, you didn't have to do regular. Yeah, like when you're in a Herald team, when you're in a Herald team, you have to, you're required to have practices. And, uh, and that's very hard to schedule because you're, you're having to schedule with seven other people and a coach. Right. And it usually, for me, ended up being kind of inconvenient times a lot of the time. Uh, a weird life fact. Right now we're walking by the office of one of the people that I'll have to be on the phone with at 5 o'clock. Which is sort of strange to me. Ooh. Uh, try that, hackers. What's that? I said try that, hackers. See if you can figure out who that is. Oh, yeah. With no further clues. I, I doubt anyone would be able to figure Here's that out. Here's a clue. Google J.D. Amato and business. I don't think that would. I don't think that would get you any further. No. Um, Although with all the childhood movies that I have, I think I am going to make a YouTube account for them, but not attach my or any of my friends' names to them. Uh huh. So that you would just have to be able to find it using certain context clues. Yeah. That probably are cont- contained within this podcast, uh-huh. or not this episode, but you know, previous one. Yeah. Similar to your situation. Uh huh. Not the same, but. Um, ooh boy. You know, what's ooh boy? Just the world of the day. The heat? Yeah. It's not that hot, it's pretty nice actually. For me, it's already. It's a, there's a warming happening. Sure. Have you ever thought about getting like a physical trainer? Uh. Just to get in shape? Yeah. Uh, I'd be to see like a really fit Yeah. I don't know. It could happen at some point. I don't like the idea of paying someone to boss me around. To watch you work out? Nah, I don't like it. Huh. I'd rather just do it on my own. But, uh, but you wouldn't. You won't. I know I wouldn't, but I don't like the idea of... But uh, you give someone money to basically motivate you, compel you to get this stuff done. Uh, I'd rather spend that money on other things and motivate myself. But you won't motivate yourself. Yeah, but at least I'll have the money, right? <laughs> You're like, put... <laughs> this is like a New York Connor character. Yeah, at least I have a buck, though. Huh? Great. Uh, it's like, you, you sound like uh, Cliff from Cheers. That's true. <laughs> An idiot? Yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking. That's the word I was thinking of. 
Um, all right, we're walking past the Lowe's 34th Street. How often do you go see movies at this theater, JD? Never. Never? Why? I don't like this theater. What about it? I don't like Lowe's. Uh, I don't think they do a good job presenting their films. Take that, Lowe's. Lowe's blows uh, is the hashtag for that. Don't hashtag that. Why? That's. I don't feel. I, I just think that other in New York there's other places that do a better job presenting films. But you don't like the double Lowe's. meaning of that because it's kind of like that's a low blow, JD. It kind of criticizes you as well. No, Lowe's blows. It does not have. Has two meanings. Does not have two meanings. Yeah, it, it has. It has to be Lowe's blow. No, because you're getting in your low blows against Lowe's. You're saying, I don't like the way they present their movies. I would never go there. No, but it's not Some might say blows. pretty low blows. So it's either Lowe's blows. Low blows, L-O-E-W, or Lowe's blow, L-O-E-W-S blow. Maybe, but I think Lowe's blows covers both. I don't think, it's, I don't think it does. Uh, you be the judge, viewer listeners. Now, we have to be strategic about how we enter B&H. Why? Well, so that they don't stop me from entering with all of our gear. Okay. So I turn in my bag. No, we just walk in and they'll be like, turn your bag. And then if they tell me to, I'll be like, I actually need to show this stuff to yeah. the person. And then I may end up having to just hold the, the stuff while you're going in and getting it, right? No, I mean, you can turn your bag. You'll probably have to put your bag in. Uh-huh. But if it's small enough, they usually don't really care. Yeah. But what about if they want your recording gear? No, I, they wouldn't. I'll just like, I need, to, I need this to show them. Can't we just tell them we're recording a podcast? We can, but I don't... I don't know, maybe we've missed... I, we're I, doing uh, a... We're Secret Shoppers recording a podcast on customer service at various retail outlets. In our first... Our, in the very first moment of our first episode, we did learn that that is a very powerful justification. Yeah. What do we do in that? Uh, when the person at the Times Square Theater was like, what are you doing? Oh, yeah. And you were like, recording a podcast. He's like, okay. Checking my bag. What's that? I'm okay. Okay. Uh, I was gonna do the bag check, but then that guy very angrily yelled at me that I was okay. No, oh, well then you're fine. Yes. So here, uh, B&H is always reminds me of like a Terry Gilliam movie. Yeah, it does. It's very busy and frantic. Uh, so here's all these excellent lobs. Uh huh. Which I am going to find after. Here's the one that you have on. Uh huh. Just the trans- Sennheiser. Yeah. And. The one that I have on is the older version of the Sony. Mm-hmm. We're not buying one of these. We're buying no. batteries. I know, but I'm just, I'm told you, it's like a toy store for me. Yeah. I'm looking at all this. And here's all the mixers here, which I'm pining after. We need batteries, and then we need a lot of clip. Do you like uh, the flesh-colored uh, microphones? Those are for, like, live performance. And by flesh, I mean Caucasian flesh. Obviously, that's an yes. outdated term. Yeah. 
Oh. The sounds of robots can be heard. So what we need is an alligator clip and a microchip. I believe we need this. See how expensive these are? Ooh. What about these? What are they one of these ones? These ones don't work with uh, the one that I have. This one might well sit well if someone to guess. And then here's the cases. See this case? Do you see yeah. how much it costs? How much? 190. For a case just like that. Mm. Whereas, see there? What we would need is smaller than that, but still, it's all so, so, so expensive. That case. No, watertight. You get a watertight one for 41. For one of these. We can go in the, we can jump in the water with that one. That's a good point. Do it all swimming up. But see how nice these are? You can just put them over your shoulder there. Uh, Would you feel comfortable getting the watertight case and doing an underwater episode? Yes, let's do it. I'd be more into that than I think you would. Did we stay underwater for 12 hours? Yeah. Uh, okay. I would definitely get featured in Wired if one of our episodes is underwater for 12 hours. Absolutely. Wired can't pass that up. No, 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 not at all. Um, okay, so let's go let's grab up. the ear of... Uh, All right, JD is making his move. That's the thing is that you can only get stuff if you have someone help you, assist you. Oh, you can't get it off the thing even? No. Smart. Because there's no, you can't take it anyway. You have to put it in the whole thing. Yeah. This is probably the one we'll end up getting. Oh, you think? Yeah. All righty. Good bargain. But still, look at how expensive they are. Uh, it's it's about $7 once, for a little while. Yeah, but once you show me those other ones, that doesn't hurt me. Yeah. Uh, how do you get people's attention? Should I take uh, my money out and flash it? You just sort of wait. I want to buy a thing. I want to buy a thing. Uh, I'm going to take out my cash. And just... Wave it around. Yeah, I got $4 cash. I'm just going to be like... I'll just hold it up. Like, uh... Money in the bank. Yeah. Right, JD? Exactly. This is the way you get a salesperson's attention. You flash four $1 bills in the air. Right. And say, uh, does anyone want my money? Or start to put your money away, and then they'll sense the lost sale. Uh, yeah, we should get a live clip, an alligator clip for... Wow. Uh, Sony EWR. You'll notice the timing of that, listeners. That the second I put my money away, we got helped by a person. Now he's like looking at the computer and going through stuff. Uh, I don't know what the. EWR? Yeah, maybe. Whatever the. The wireless Sony? Uh, yeah, it's. Yeah, UWP, yeah. Yeah, this one right here. Yeah, that makes sense. That would have been an easier way to just literally take it out. That's what I figured. Yeah. Come on, you can do this. There we go. So 
Do you want alligator clips? Yeah. Huh. Well, you can use the universal. Yeah, I think that should work. No, it's got to be Sony. Uh, I don't think that one will work. I mean, that works with all your tentacles. Here's the, uh... Yeah, you're actually putting the alligator clip on the wire. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right, I think you got that. What's... Three bucks a piece. Um, the mini alligator. Three different, this has got four different mounting places. This has got two. All right, I'll grab this one then. And are we getting batteries too? Yeah, I'll just add them to my thing. Okay. And then if we also just get a bunch of double A's too, that'd be great. Uh, let's get whatever the price drop is in the packs. My guess is like whatever, like 24. I'm over browsing the uh, keyboards while JD is yeah, dealing with the battery situation. Uh, 847. John? Yep. Take this ticket right over to the guy behind the counter. I've got everything called up for you. Great, thank you so much. No problem. Thank you. All right. Uh, can I pay for these on my card, even though it's your account, or no? Uh, yeah, you could, theoretically, yeah. Or does it screw up your account? No, it doesn't. Okay. We pay over there also, not here. Okay. There's, like, multiple steps to this. So you can see there's, like, an overhead track system. Mm-hmm. That's what happens. That's the Terry Gilliam part. What's that? That's the Terry Gilliam part. Yeah, exactly. You can head to the cashier to pay and pick everything up. Thanks for choosing mm. What's up, man? How are you doing? How are you? Good. This will just take a few minutes to process your order, okay? Yep, no worries. JD, if you could have anything in this case, what would you get? Oh. Uh, Not about the money, just about the use. I would get a, one of the mobile flat top mixers. Yeah? Yeah. What would you use that for? This podcast. Do you carry that around all day? No, but if we did like a setup somewhere. All right. It's not bad for a mixer. That's when no. you consider how many alligator clips that is. It's not that many. Yeah. Like like you either have a pile of like twenty alligator clips, or you'd have that. Yeah, I know, right? That's the currency of uh, so much stuff. <sighs> I'm just waiting on the yeah. batteries to arrive. They should be here. No worries. Momentarily. No worries at all. Thank you.
Well, what's been the happiest experience you've had here? Thank you. I wonder. I'm getting all the equipment for the first RV trip. So I sort of had used to be his credit card. Yep. There you go. Thank you so much. Anything else you need? We add it to the same order when you're all done. Great. Thank you. Um, the one place that we should go ch check out while it zooms across the sky to the checkout place uh -huh. is um, the, the the used section. Yeah, always has really great deals. So your order is going to zip across the the mobile. Yeah. So basically, we pay here and then we go to the pickup area and we pick it up. All right. So that the idea is that customers never handle any of the equipment until, until they, own they own it. And Smart. that way it stops thefts, it stops breaking stuff, you know. It's a pretty ingenious thing. But what's also funny is that it must happen once a day. It happens almost every time that I'm, I come. Yeah. Oopsies. Um, is something gets caught and then all... They like get caught on the track, yeah, and then just it's it's film equipment raining from the sky on the people, and it's like hundreds of thousands of dollars of stuff. So here we are in the used section. And this is actually a good place to get things like cases and things like that. Yeah, because it's much less expensive, but they're also not great cases usually. That's close to what you're looking at, right? Yeah, it's not far. It's not far. Um, but the prices yeah. here are much, much, much better. Yeah. Because <clears throat> all this stuff is gross, you know? Gro really gross stuff, all this stuff. Yeah, or it's mostly like big production companies that bought it for something and never used it and then want. Yeah, and then they're like, we want something for our troubles. Exactly. See, like here. This is... This is only $220 now. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Well... Look, this light's only $250. It's only a handful of alligator clips. Do you need a, a bounce? Uh, or a backpack? Or a bat signal? That's not bad. That's about the right size. Um, hmm. You seem at peace. I am always when I'm here. Except the problem is, like, uh, I always almost convince myself to get something that I definitely don't need. Uh huh. What's your worst purchase here? Uh, your biggest regret? Uh, I'm trying to think. I don't. That's not a bad little camcorder for 129, right? Maybe my GoPro. Why not not even. It? I didn't even get that here. No. Oh, do you have their, their candies really good too? Oh, free candy? This is my this is one of my few joys. Is the candy actually good? Yeah. Oh, look um, at this old. 
It's a little jalopy. It's not old, but it's a news camera. Mm -hmm. Old news. Old news. Uh, get some of those scanners and inkjet printers. Yeah. I've also taken the tape off of my lob, so now I'm just holding it up. You know what I bought that I didn't really need, but I've actually gotten a lot of use out of from the what? use section? What? Is uh, cloth backdrops. Just like yeah. giant white pieces of thick cloth that you use for backdrops. Uh-huh. Like that was the white cloth that I used to cover everyone at the end of the cult show. Uh-huh. And I've gotten a lot of use out of them, but... Um, I didn't need to pick, I didn't need them. Hello. How are you? Yeah. Yeah. Well. Thank you. How are you? Good. I'm John. Thank you, Connor. You're welcome, JD. Happy birthday. Thank you for donating the purchase of the lot. But... I gotta pull my weight. Yeah. Yeah. They get your payment ticket. Just show everything. They make a one ticket. Okay. Behind the car. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you. And now we go into it right here. Right here. Oh. What? Did I do it wrong? No. She just wanted to make sure you had a thing. Hi, how you doing? Good. Alrighty. The thing that they did for the longest time, which they must have stopped, but I'd always tell them not to, is they would staple the, a flyer for the New York Film Academy. I guess the New York Film Academy uh -huh. had some agreement with them. Yeah. That always annoyed me. Thank you, sir. Thank you. And then we'll sit down. Oh, I don't need this. I'll take the bag. You can keep the receipt. And then we'll go right here and get all this set up. This is all, now we're in the, the sitting area where when you buy stuff, you unpackage it here and make yeah. sure that you got everything that you pay for. Smart. <clears throat> it's a pretty, it's a pretty, it's pretty, really well, pretty efficient facility. It's a very efficient retail system. Uh, <clears throat> everything that makes a lot of sense, but it still feels customer friendly. Uh, and it's mostly run by Hasidic Jewish people. Mm -hmm. It's always interesting to me. Sorry for all the scratching you've heard in the audience. 
Yeah, JD has a rash. Yeah. On I've his been, microphone. That have been scratching nonstop. very peaceful out here. I would imagine it would be very easy to imagine a version of this store that would be just feel very either chaotic or hostile to the customers, and it, it's kind of impressive that it doesn't feel right. hostile. Um, I mean, it's a little bit, as you said, Terry Gilliam, which, you know, is Orwellian sort of. Uh, right. There is some, there is an element of the robot's uh, running the show. Yes. It's still a pretty nice place. Pretty satisfying. I'm trying to pass my love. You what? I'm trying to get this to fit, but it's not doing a great job. JD is performing very surgical procedure. Don't want to rip the core. Yeah. Do you need me to help with any of that? No, I don't think so. I can press the thing open? No, it doesn't need to be Oh, it's getting it in the thing. Yeah. yeah. Stay for sure, though, but I can't tell which. Well, listeners, what's happening right now is JD is trying to fix. He's trying to attach the, his microphone cord to the alligator clip. Yeah, I'll do this it. and you put it in. What do I do? Yeah. Where am I putting it? You're gonna hold it Between, open. Uh, yeah. All right. I'm gonna put it there we go. Yeah. It just took two people. Teamwork. That, that was the key to it. How do we just learn that things that we thought we could only do alone are better to be done together? Yeah. And things that we feel like we can't do by ourselves, maybe just need a little helping hand. Exactly. If we learn nothing from this episode, dear listeners, learn to ask for a little help sometimes. I get by with a little help. Uh, oh, we can't afford that. The one thing we can't afford is to sing Beatles songs on this podcast. Yeah, right. Um, How does this look? Looks pretty good to me. Okay. And then now we're going to battery up. Well, I'm still solid at two bars. I don't feel like it's time for me to battery up yet. But you're going to take these into your pocket. I'll take them into my pocket as if they were my own. battery up this guy. uh, It still has two bars, but it still scares me. Why don't you I wait till your one bar? I might have less. Well, because I thought that I was... Uh, this has one bar. So this is going to go the way of the dogs. Okay, oh, yeah. so it's now going to be you for a second. 
Keith Haskell for letting us borrow his spot when we were playing. Oh man. I'm still bummed out by that. I know you are. You'll never stop being bummed out by it. It's permanent. It felt like a failing on my part. It was just a human failing. Human error is a part of our podcast. Even if you weren't human, every now and then your tracks would get clogged and film parts would rain down from the skies. Even robots aren't perfect, JD. Yeah, that is so funny when it happens. Mm -hmm. People get hurt? No. I'm going to give you more of these to hold. I don't think I'll go burn through that many batteries today. I know, but it's just less batteries for me to carry. Oh, yeah. Here, you can give me a couple more. Put them in, I'll put them in the, my bag. What's that? You can give me a couple more. I'll put them in my bag. That'll do. All right. That'll do. That'll do, pig. That'll do, pig. That'll do. Um, do you ever the commercials for Babe? What was the one thing I always had in all the commercials? The mice? Yes, the mice. Now it's like one part of Babe where we went, ah, like it was like singing or something. It'd be like, ah, I'm Babe. And it's like, so, such a weird yeah. singing voice thing. It always was like, why are you including this in every piece of everything for this stupid thing? Hey, what were your thoughts uh, when you and Gethard went to see uh, Big Lebowski a few months ago? Uh, it was good. I mean, I'd seen Big Lebowski before. But I mean, what were your new, did you have any new perspectives on seeing it in this year? New perspectives on Big Lebowski, I had, not really. I... I still think um, What's-His-Name gives... Well, everyone in that movie gives killer performances. Yeah. That because it's so uh, surreal, mm -hmm. it gets sort of overlooked for how truly good they are as performances, but yeah. they are really good. Who was the person you were about to single out? Goodman. Yeah. Yeah, it may be... It could be career best work in a career that it's hard to say that about, because there's... All career there's so much good. good, yeah. But he's so good. Yeah. And then let's go find somewhere to eat where we can plug in. Thank you. Have a good one. Um, what are you feeling food-wise? Uh, anything. Whatever you want. Is there something around? And what's that place at the corner? Is that anything? It's a deli. All right. Uh, There's a Chipotle back that way. There's stuff down by the training centers that way. So down there. We go down there, and if there's nothing that has an outlet, we can just get take out and go to the training center. All right. And then head down. Um, the, uh, what I was uh, struck by, I pointed out one of my favorite things in The Big Lebowski, and I pointed out to Tom Levin, and it was something he had never noticed before, but it was one of the uh -huh. first things I remember liking about it when I originally saw it, is the way that throughout the movie, 
uh, people say things to the dude, and then he absorbs them and repeats them yeah. later without right. realizing he's doing it. Yeah. And my favorite one being the first thing you see is him in the grocery store, and there's uh, the clip of President George H.W. Bush saying, uh, this aggression will not stand. This aggression yeah. against Kuwait by Saddam Hussein will not stand. It's the first Gulf War. Right. And, like, halfway through the movie, there's a scene where he's saying, this aggression will not stand, man. Yeah. Uh, and I just think that's the funniest character trait, to have a character who's so unaware of where he's getting the things he's saying a lot of the time. Right. Uh, it also is really interesting watching it now. Like, currently now, the big debate is, like, are we going to go back into Iraq with other people, like... Uh, uh, a lot of hawks who were big Gulf War II uh, is your phone advocates. right next to that? No, my phone is over on the other side. Um, the right now, there's all this talk about people wanting to go back to Iraq. Other people are saying no, it's a terrible idea. That when they made the Big Lebowski in in the late '90s, it was a really funny choice to have it be a period piece set during the first Gulf War. Right. And to fill it with references to that. And I'm sure at the time the thought was, this is just a real specific weird time and place to set this story. And it locks it in a time. But now there's been a whole other decade of Iraq war since then. Saddam Hussein is killed. Uh, There's all this stuff that makes that has, uh, uh, fills it with portent for the future. It's not just about the, what the original intent was, where it's stuck in this one moment. That moment has echoes later in history that would happen 10 and 15 years after it, you know? Right. Uh, the, uh, you know, it was, it's, it's really, it's so fascinating to think of how kind of poorly received it was when it came out, because it came out right after Fargo. And Fargo was like, up to that point, maybe their most beloved movie on first release. Certainly, their right. uh, the first time they got serious like Oscar acclaim, and uh, everybody loved Fargo. And when the Big Lebowski came out, it was really dismissed as uh, silly, too surreal, too weird, not as good. And Fargo, which was presented as based on a true story, and it was a totally made-up story, whereas The Big Lebowski, which seems like it's all made up, was actually, had a lot more uh, basis in true things from the Coen brothers' life. Like, the dude and Walt were both based on people they knew. Right. And things like the incident with the homework and the baggie was, that was like the inspiration for the movie, was that the guy who uh, Walter was based on actually did that. He found, like, some kid stole his car and, like, damaged it, and they found this homework and he went to the kid's house dressed in a suit and he had the homework in a baggie as if it was evidence right and the Coen brothers thought that was so hilarious and that was part of why they started thinking like let's write a movie about these two guys uh and I also remember reading reviews when it came out saying that a lot of different uh, movie critics one of their critiques was that even people who liked it were like, well, there's no plot, but... And I'm like, that movie possibly has one of the most complicated plots of any movie. Yeah. What they're perceiving is that there's a main character 
who is not able to follow his own movie plot. Like, right. And so it's almost as if those critics got so affected by the perspective of the, the point of view of the main character that they felt like there was no plot. When it really is just there's an incredibly tangled plot that the main character is never fully able to like wrap his head around. Right, exactly. Uh, I was on this street recently recording a thing. What kind of thing? It was like a demo for a uh, a demo trailer for a uh, uh, like a children's book, but, but like turning Wait, it into what? a oh, like turning it into an animated thing. Oh, wait! Why are you recording it here? There's a little studio in a, like a top floor apartment. Oh, interesting! And it was really nice. Like it was a top floor apartment. It was a thing that uh, Michael Caine uh, asked me to do. Uh, it was a nice little fun thing. That's fun. But do you, it, but do, you the, do a lot of voiceover stuff? Uh, no, I audition for voiceover stuff every now and then, but I never never booked anything. I think weirdly, like I think I'd be good at it. But like with a lot of things, I feel like the audition process, some people are great at auditioning, and I feel like in the audition voiceover process, I don't have what it takes to impress a client. Like, yeah. I feel like if there was someone who knew me who's like, hey, can you do a bunch of voices for this? They, I'd be able to do it. But going in and reading, like, 30 seconds of copy... Right. Uh, I don't feel like I've ever gone into a situation where I always feel like I disappoint them. Right. Uh, partly because a lot of times what happens with those uh, voiceover auditions is you have, a, you have a very small amount of copy and they'll say things like, make it super fun, make it your own, they'll, they'll do right. these things. And I don't, I think there's other people who have a better uh, process for... Uh, a better process for making uh, making it their own and having fun with it. Whereas, like, like Mur- I kind of like, Mur- like I feel like Murph has like yeah a great voice, and then if you're like make it your own, he'll be like the new hot, you know, like he'll, he'll, yeah he has a specific thing. He's like, oh, this is what they want me to do. Yeah, whereas they don't want this anything. This is the version of fun that I can present. Yeah. Uh, and I always feel a little bit bound by, well, you've given me this copy. It's, you know, like, it's hard to know what you want. Like, if this is what you gave me, it's kind of hard for me to figure out. Right. This thing that you guys came up with isn't fun enough for you. I don't know what your idea of fun yeah. is. Mooncake. Very mooncakes. Uh, I th- I just think there's, just, there's something about being able to overcome the circumstances of it and have fun. Whereas to me, it always feels like, uh... Well, the whole process is so fake that any time that people try to ask you not to do that, it feels like a false request. Uh-huh. Which is why, like, the few amount of auditions that I've done in my life, which is only if someone... I usually say no three times, and if they really ask me to come in, yeah, I do it, and it's a letdown for them. Yeah. And so I've done very few auditions, but every time it's that same thing where it's like, yo, tell me about that girl, bro. I was trying. Uh, yo, when I was talking to her, like, no, this whole thing is false. Let's just acknowledge the the little people we walked past just now. Yeah. They're having a real New York conversation. They're having a real New York time. 
All right. New York Times. <laughs> These are some great New York Times. These are the New York Times of our lives. When I was in college, I did a lot of animation stuff also. Uh-huh. Uh, a friend once recommended me to uh, be a voice actor for a cartoon series there. Uh-huh. They had me come in to audition. And at that point, I'd never done any improv or anything. Zero performance experience. Uh-huh. And, oh, man, was that a bad... Uh, just, like, the whole thing. So, like, you know, so what's your... Like, do you have a voiceover ridge? And I was like, no. Just sort of being like, oh, I thought this person was sort of a well-respected person. Uh-huh. Asking me to do this was just like, oh, I'll go do it. But instead, I have to audition, and I didn't have any of the accoutrements of audition, yeah. you know what I mean? So then I got there, I'm like, great, let's get in the booth. And then, like, they're like, well, what, what type of voice do you normally do? And I was like, uh, you know, more like leading me. Like, I just like, had to, like, make up, like, I don't know. Yeah. And, and then I spent, like, two hours there doing different voices for them. They liked them. And then they brought the director in. And the director had me read. Like, that's like, great, well, now we're going to record uh, two of the episodes. This is great. So we went in, we got halfway through the first one, and the director went, great, I think we're good. And I was like, but, oh, like, oh, 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 I'm, I'm being fired right now. That's what's taking place. Yeah. And then I never heard from it again. Uh, and I didn't get paid for that day either. Hashtag. Paid for the day. <laughs> uh, where do you want to go? Uh, you're a much pickier eater than I, so it's up to you. Well, we're Can you just... take your, your transfer out of your pocket? Yeah, it's you. Uh, have it, like, on, clip on the outside out. Just as we're getting a lot of interference from... My shorts? stuff in your pocket or something. There's nothing else in my or pocket. Like, it's so weird. Whenever you put it close to... How's it now? Something. Better. Very strange. Well, we don't have to get food at the same place if we're just taking it to. Uh, oh yeah. The thing. So I can, I can get some stuff in Fresh and Co. I might get something from Hot Bellies. All right, you're gonna get something from Fresh and Co. Maybe. I can get something from. All right. I'll get a sandwich or something from there. Um. The. I, you know, and uh, I, although it's changed over the last couple of years where you no longer really have to bring a headshot in. Yeah. Uh, but when I started doing commercial auditions last year, uh, I, I haven't done my, I haven't updated my headshots in a while. Right. And so, and it always feels like a hassle bringing them in. I don't really have a CV that's. I mean, I have one that I could print out, but I always yeah. feel like it's a hassle. And so I just got to the point where I started not bringing them, even if it, even if they said bring a headshot. Right. I would not bring them in. I would just be like, I would feel like either they want me for this, and then the headshot becomes a moot point, or they don't want me for it, and then the headshot, it, it didn't matter anyway. Uh, but I always just sort of felt like I didn't feel like bringing a headshot to an audition. I just thought, like, that was my sort of, I'll do everything. I'll be cooperative in every other way of part of the process, but I actually kind of felt like, even though I knew it was slightly unprofessional to not comply with something, especially if they said bring a headshot, 
Uh, there was another part of it that has witnessed firsthand the way that people who seem to be care less about yeah. it are uh, more highly valued. Right. Like, oh, this guy doesn't seem like he even wants this yeah. job. Let's call Let's him back. Let's hire him, yeah. Uh, let me see. Yeah, I get that. Now, how would you feel if you were running an audition and you wanted headshots and someone came in with no headshot? I wouldn't care. If they were good, I would be like, oh, okay. Well, we are in Fresh & Co. now, and we are browsing up a storm. Browsing for food. What are you going to get? Uh, I'm going to get uh, a, one of these green machines. Okay. And... I'm going to try one of these sodas here. Spindrift. Is that what you're looking at? Yeah. They have a cranberry raspberry soda. They have a sparkling lemonade, which looks pretty good. All right, well, yeah, Spindrift. Who's heard of this? It's probably like Coke, but... Oh, owned by Coke, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, I think Coke bought up uh, a lot of... Yeah. Coke buys everything, right? Yeah, PepsiCo. It's just like, okay. Oh, you're successful? Great. I'll take it. Yeah. I'm going to get a sparkling orange mango and a sandwich. And chips. I have a sandwich in my bag. I actually had made us sandwiches in case we needed them as an emergency, but wow. now we're in a place where... Smart man. We're just browsing now. You hear the sounds of Fresh & Co. I'm going to purchase some of my stuff here. See what happens. JD's browsing uh, over. Smoke turkey cheddar. Making his order. What time is your interview? It's not an interview. Oh, your combo. It's not. It's not it's, a secret. It's, it's a. It's a five fifteen. All about a project coming. Five fifteen. Yeah. All right. Hi there. So I don't want to just make our audience think that I'm interviewing. Yeah, J listeners, JD. JD does not interview for jobs, so don't even bother. Uh, to go. Uh, no thanks. I'm good. Thank you. Um, so we probably should just hang there until you're done with the phone call, right? Yeah, maybe. Or yeah, we can do it a late night. That Ooh, that yeah, let's do that. Nicer. That's better, right? I'm gonna tweet that so that we don't get people uh, yeah. doing that. All right, I'm just tweeting to update people. Um, JD's waiting for his food.
right now I'm just tweeting, so that's why you'll not you'll uh, hear these long pauses while I formulate these. But you'll hear music. There's the music that's being played at Fresh and Co. So I hope you're enjoying this, these tunes. Sounds like it might be. If it's not keen, it's certainly keen influenced. Uh, to go. Uh, it's the. Uh, oh yeah, this is turkey keen. cheddar. Is it any one of Did he's paying for his stuff? Um. So I wonder if we should go to that thing, and then go to the Santa Ferry from that, or. Yeah, maybe that. Yeah. We should. Uh, no, thank you. Thank you, too. Alright. JD, they're hiring at uh, Fresh and Coat. I don't interview, though. I know, but you could tell them I won't interview, but like just put it out there. If they're willing to hire you without. An interview. It was funny how self-conscious I was about the fact it's like it's not an interview. I'm not doing an interview. Yeah. Even uh, though I have done things that are essentially interviews. Yeah. But they're usually called quote general meetings. Gen- oh, is my mic okay? Yeah. Why? Feels like it's upside down. No. All right. I mean, it is a little bit. You could probably twist it. All right. Right now we're going into what is the uh, we're about to go into the having left Russian Co. We're going into the area that is the old UCB training center. This is where JD and I would have met, probably, right? We probably met at indie shows or something first. Uh, where did we meet, actually? Our first. I me- can't remember the first time talking. to Our you. first meaningful interactions probably would have been being in classes. It probably would have been the Anthony King late night with Harold. Yeah. Yeah, uh, class. I think Jump On 3 would have crossed paths maybe with Jump On 3. Yeah, I think you might group. have been like friends with... Oh, no. It was probably through Phil. It was through Phil and Jump On 3 show. We booked one of your indie teams. You were in the movie class with Phil. And that's yeah, where we that's met right. afterwards. I think we met at Grass... We became friends Grassroots. at Grassroots. I don't know if we became friends at Grassroots. We became friendly. To me, we became friends, Connor. Mm, I, think I just put my hand on Connor's shoulder in a dramatic, like, teen sitcom way. Yeah. Well, hopefully there won't be a lot of people here, so we can get prime real estate and see what happens. All right, we're gonna see who's teaching here, who's practicing. I don't know who is. All right. All right. What a cool, relaxing place to be. I know this is sort of a perfect location. <clears throat> Um, right now, if you if you hear sort of background noises, screams and things like that, it's because there are 
improvisers practicing. I know which improvisers. So. Who was it? Mark Vigent. I can hear screaming. Oh, Mark Vigent. I was in 401 with him. Really? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Did he take a big break from taking classes? Yeah. Um, I made these peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for us, J.D., but I may end up eating them since you have food. You can, I, yeah. But, but I want you to know the sentiment was there, that if we found ourselves stranded somewhere without food, I was going to whip out these sandwiches. I appreciate that sentiment. Mm. Um, or maybe it's not Mark Vigen, but it sounds like him. It does sound like him. Test, 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 J.D. Test, 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 Connor. Both a little soft? Yeah, just because we're both. Got soft word facing one of those. I'm eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich that I made this morning in anticipation of being potentially out and about. And that was a good anticipation. Yeah. Mm. They're screaming there's a cockroach on the floor, and it sounds like they're doing some kind of warm-up, some sort of matching exercise. Oh, to continue my DCM story. Can we do this again? What? Cast we'll push, test. We'll oh, push the wire into... I'm going to help JD with his microphone again. All right. Um, so the second year of DCM, which was 2010, was the year that I got in with Sigaman Group and we did that show. Right. And it was the only time we successfully did the season finale form. Right. Uh, 2011 was the year that we met. We took classes together. Yes. We did parentheses together. We started doing the Gethard show right. at MNN. And I was on Herald Night. Right. And I think that would have been August of 2011. When you're on a Herald team... Were, and we, you, were, were we on Herald Night at the same time ever? I don't think so. Yeah. Mm, um, when you're on a Herald team and DCM rolls around, all the Herald teams have an automatic right. slot in... The Douglas Marathon. And so I was in GCM with Dance Break, which was my second Herald team after I was on Capture for four months or whatever. Then Capture got split up, and a lot of Capture got turned into Dance Break. Um, that year, GCM, I felt like I was in a, a handful of shows because Secret Mangrove had a show. Right. I was in a lot of shows that year. So I went from being in one show to being in multiple shows. Then, up like a month after DCM, I got put on Stepfathers. So the next year to CCM was DCM 13, I think. Mm-hmm. No, it was DCM 14. And that was the year that the Stepfathers... Like, I had actually missed seeing the Stepfathers in DCM 13 because I assumed it would be too hard to get in. I found out later that I could have gotten in and I heard that the Stepfathers did the best show of, of DCM. Right. Um, 
at the time, it was, everyone was talking about it like the step, like the assumption kind of was that the stepfathers being one of the best teams of the theater, whether just a house team, someone else, some other big show coming into town might be the best show of the festival. So I remember there being a little bit of like almost surprise kind of that it was like the show that normally is on the theater at 9 p.m. on Friday did their 9 p.m. on Friday show during the festival and it was the best show of the festival, right. of the marathon. That was the Rewind one, right? No, that was something else happened. The Rewind one was the first Stepfather's DCM that I was in. Oh, I saw that show. Mm-hmm. That show, nothing, but there's no like gimmick. Yeah. It was just like near flawless scene work. Yeah. I remember seeing it being like, it's kind of thing like each scene went by and you're like, they're not going to drop the ball on any one of these, are they? And it just like got better and better and better. Yeah. I mean, there was the gimmick of doing the rewinds bit. Uh, and the rewind. No. Oh, oh, you mean the one, the, the yeah. 13 before. Okay. Sorry. It was just like great scene work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so that was another surreal aspect of getting placed on Stepfather's Rise. I was, I was just like, they just did the best show of the marathon and now I'm on this team a right. month later. In DCM 14, that year, it was on the Stepfathers, and in addition to that show, which that was the rewind, rewind show, which got written up in the New York Times and, and uh, various places online, and, that, and it was the second year in a row where they were like, Stepfathers did like the show of the marathon. Because right. I kind of felt self-conscious about the fact that, like, oh, I've joined the team, and now we're, what if we do a bad show? And it'll be like, oh, last year they were the best, and now they've added this guy. And not they're good still, but right. you know, I was sort of expecting that to be what happened, and I think that might have happened if Gethard hadn't made that rewind move. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gethard was only made that move, and that really was what made the sh- that show impressive to people. Uh, I would say the two moves that happened in that one was Gethard making it the rewind show, right? And then when we finished. And we still had like a couple minutes on the clock when Sylvia decided to start doing DVD commentary, sort of rewinding it again, but then doing commentary from the back line. That like that saved the last couple minutes of it. But that year was DCM 14, and I was in 14 shows total. So last year for DCM 15, my goal was to be in 15 shows, and that I felt like I'm going to see how long I can keep this. Where if I always match the number of shows that it is the year of DCM. That may be one of those things like the uh, who's the last person to have read all the books where eventually it becomes unsustainable. Right. Um, but my goal last year was to be in 15 shows. And I tweeted that when... To be, joined, put, to be on, the, on the cast list for 15 shows or perform in 15 shows? Perform in 15 shows. But when... Uh, or both. I don't really care what's on the website. I mean, ideally I'd be on the website for it, but... For me, it was just to be in 15 shows. Um, and I tweeted during the process when people were right. applying that anyone could put me in their show. And I would do it if I could schedule-wise. But I'm like, feel free to put my name on your submission for any show in DCM, and I'll be right. in your show. Like, and it meant, like, if you're an indie team that's starting out and you have six people, add me to your team, and I'll right. do the show if I can. Um, I got zero, <laughs> no one took me up on it. Um, hmm. I got no, no, no one that I wasn't, wasn't already like on the team of or had asked me, I got no responses to saying publicly, 
Right. Yeah, being a, so last year for DCM15, I ended up being in four, 14 shows again, same as the previous <laughs> year. Uh, what are those shows? What were they? Mm. What are the big ones first? Stepfather, Secret Man Group, The Shucks, Guthrie Show, um, 15 Minute Sound and Movement. Um, there was a musical show. I sat in, oh, I, there was a musical show and I sat in with Diamond Lion, I believe. Right. Um, who else? Did you do Sabonis last year? Sabonis, yeah. Who was I? I was supposed to fill in for Gethard. Yeah, and you didn't show and up. And then I didn't. So it was it's, just me and Don. Right. I was going to and then it was like, I could go home and sleep for five hours or I could stay up for three hours and do Sabonis. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember what else, but there were other shows. Um, I can remember eight of them. Yeah. Every year, I think I, the past three years, I've had like eight to 12. Yeah. Oh, uh, Radio Lab. Mm. Radio, Improvised Radio Lab was a fun one. This year, I'm surprised that I'm in 11 mm -hmm. and I have no house teams or anything. Yeah. Because usually it's like, well, my house team, my this team, my that team. I have no house teams or current indie teams. Or you also don't have your main indie team that you were in. You have all these offshoots, but you don't have Jump on 3. That's weird. Yeah. I'm always surprised that Dreadnought isn't in DCM. Yeah, Jump on 3 only got that one show and we did really well. We got a good crowd and everything, and now we're like, what? That was our only... Mm. I don't think Dreadnought's ever gotten into cage match. I think they stopped trying after a while, but it's such a stacked team of players. That was the thing. <clears throat> Swag has never run cage match. Mm -hmm. Which we would have. I think we would have been a team that could compete. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, go on a run. So when we do shows, they do, they do... They have really good shows. And Chump on Thrill only got to do cage match the one year. I've only done cage match twice. Mm -hmm. Jump on three and creature. Yeah. Rocks didn't get to do it. Why didn't Rocks get to do it? Because we were we came and went before. Before you got into the rotation. Yeah. Rocks didn't do DCM. Rocks didn't do cage match. Actually, no, that's not true. Rocks. After we did DCM last year, and we're doing it again this year. Post Herald Night. Yeah. After being cut, we have a bit show that we do. I think I've saw Rocks twice at Herald Night. And they're both really good, really good heralds. It was a good team. I know there was one or two people that didn't like the team that they were on it, and I think they sent the message up the vine that they didn't want the team to continue. Hmm. And I know Delaney was not a fan. Um, I wonder, do you remember, you will remember this, of course. I'm going to say that just rhetorically, but the, um, the jump on three show that, um, Five guys to the set in. Yeah, where they went for forty minutes. Yeah, um, and it, was that Zach and Bobby and Chris who were at that? Was it? Yeah. Yeah. It was Zach, Bobby, and Chris doing three props? This is amazing. And this was—I think that was before I knew Zach. It was before I'd met Bobby. Right. And it was during parentheses, right? Was that during parentheses? Could be right before it. Maybe right before it. Mm. 
yeah, so it was Zach Woods, Bobby Moynihan, Chris Gethard doing a set at Jump on Three. At Under St. Mark's. Yeah. At Under St. Mark's. So the audience is super excited. This is a, this is as, this is as high a pedigree show as you ever get at Under St. Mark's, which is, you know, still I think my favorite indie venue. Right. For doing shows. And or even in New York improv, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. If those were at ASCAT, it would be a big deal. Yeah. Um. The. Uh, they did a really good set. And then there was a point where they, there was a natural stopping point, and then there was another natural stopping point, and it was, they were going for the blackout. And what I didn't realize until later was that Gethard had said, I'll call the show. Like, I'll call, Gethard would decide when the show blacked out. Right. Rather than having the person in the tech booth black out the show. Right. And... I just assumed that you had, JD, that you had decided to not black them out, um, which is a coaching technique that I use a lot. I use it with J Jump on Three a number of times, which right. is with a good group, have them push through. Like uh, when I would coach Jump on Three, there were a number of times where you guys would do a perfect 20 minute set and I'd have you go for 35. Right. And so there'd be a solid 10 minutes of real bitter, hard struggling where you were like, really going to some bad places improv-wise, but then you would find a way of... It would be to see if you could get to, at the 30-minute mark, find something and make it good again. Right. And usually you guys would, but it's exhausting to do. But it is something that at an advanced level, it's really building the muscles that you need improv-wise to, like, can right. you get through this, you know, uh, fire? And uh, so I was assuming that that you were just not calling the blackout and that you were challenging Testing them, yeah. challenging Zach Woods, Bobby Winham, and Chris Gethard to see how they would do if they weren't getting blacked out when they should. That you were like making them do a 45-minute right. show. And it was exhilarating to watch because they went to a place... They went from doing really like a bring-down-the-house kind of killer set to doing probably some of the worst improv I've seen in Under St. Mark's from anybody. And it was, like, amazing. Like, it was so educational to see. I remember there was a point where I think Zach died, and neither, and they looked at him, and then Gethard just went on talking to Bobby. Right. And they really almost didn't even acknowledge that their friend had just died. And it was the type of thing that, like, oh, man, if you did that in Gethard's class, he would tear you a new one. He'd be like, you can't do that. Like, you didn't even react. But they'd been doing it, and they kept thinking they were done. And they just got exhausted. And they kept trying to end it, not realizing that they were the ones holding the power to end the show. Right. I remember thinking, like, man, JD has got some balls doing this to these guys. They're going to be really mad at him. And I thought you were just like, I just wanted to see what would happen. Uh, but what it was, Gethard called us on the way over, he's like... Like, we're on the way, dude. Make sure you get this song ready for us to come out to. Mm -hmm. And then he, I, was, I was like, do you want us to black you up? You want, he's, like, he's like, I'll black it out. I'll black out. I'll black out. I'll black out. And I was like, all right, I'm leaving it up to you then. I'm just going to let you go until you black it out. And he's like, he's like, God, you're going to crush it. We're going to kill it. We're the best. And they're all in the cab together. So then I was like, okay. I, told, I was like, they're going to black themselves out. Mm -hmm. And then they weren't there until the show had already started. Mm -hmm. So they came in and just, like, performed. So we didn't get the chance to be like, hey, so you have this, you know. 
feel free to black yourself out, like da da da. And it was just like they went up, and and I think all of the pop and circus fans got her to completely forgotten that he had been so yeah gung ho, but like oh black us out. Yeah. How did they feel after that? I loved it. I thought it was really fun. But they were exhausted for that middle segment. Yeah. I remember Bobby and Zach were like, that was a long time. And I was like, yeah, Gethard said he's going to black you guys out. And he was like, <laughs> I totally forgot, guys. I'm so sorry. But, our, but also, the audience loved it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, everyone there was... They loved it, but during that 10 minutes of overtime, right. or maybe not even that, maybe been closer to five minutes, there was a period where the laughter stopped. And... But still, it's enjoyable to watch because you're like, I'm watching these people. I found it fascinating because what it, I think that was the moment when I learned that I was like, oh, even if you're the best at this, you can end up, you can still, it can right. still go wrong for you. Uh, you can find yourself in a scene where you're just not, you don't know what to do. Right. Mm. I thought it was interesting too. Because that, to me, was sort of like the last hurrah of indie improv. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, maybe well, for not you. that. I just mean in general. I feel like it, there's no, there's no more other huge shows like that. Where it's like, oh, what's the night one's doing tonight? Oh, everyone's going to this one show. Whereas that was a period of time where like shows would battle to like win the night. Mm -hmm. And you'd have people like sitting in every nook and cranny of a theater trying to watch this thing. Mm -hmm. And now it's like there's so many shows that just like, yeah, you're going to get a smattering of 20, 25 people. But also I think it's that we're less connected to it. Because... I go to shows, though. I see. I mean, I, I think like, I would know if there was a huge show. I think Dreamboat still does shows and they'll pack out under St. Mark's. Not like that. They might get people in all the seats, but not like people... Not the stage doesn't become like a four foot by four foot stage because there's people sitting everywhere. Maybe, but like, do you remember like the Tesla mm -hmm. pre DCM show stuff like that, where it was like a battle back and forth to like see who could put on the biggest spectacle of the show? Maybe I just wonder if we're not connected to it. Yeah, but we 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 would get the top of it. You know what I mean? We would know if there was stuff going on. <laughs> I think it's just different now. They're all on Snapchat. Maybe they're just Snapchatting all the shows. Mm. No, I just do wonder, like, though, I'm wary of, of what it is exactly whenever you have that feeling of, like, well, back in the day, it was like this. Because it feels like every, gener <clears throat> every generation feels that. That, like, things have changed. <clears throat> back on 23rd Street, those are the, that's when it really happened. Right. I mean, like, stuff still happens at the creek. I'm less aware of it now than I was a few years ago. It's, no, I'm good. It's maybe less, like, the creek now has a proper setup and everything's, like, formal in a way that right. I miss when it was just like, ah, it is what it is. It's a little space it's right here. Only for Hunter and Terry. <laughs> Their show, remember they just had to do their show? Yeah. It was the, only them. It was, uh, um, what was the name of their group? Snarm? Or oh, um, 
smirk, 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 smirk. smirk. Um, and it was just, it wasn't even all of smirk. It yeah. was just Terry. Two thirds of the group posting it. Yeah, I mean, definitely there's like that thing that changes in that, yeah, there isn't that same thing as like Jump on 3 and Tesla, but I wonder whether there's, there's people are doing their own things in different ways that we're not always on top of. Yeah, probably. Or, or if not, then what is the thing that's replaced it? Because the scene's getting bigger, but it's also more fragmented. Even just having the second theater fragments the community right. in a way that, uh, you know, if you know X, Y, and Z performers have a show at the B side night, that means that they're not going to have anything to do with what happens at Chelsea. Right. You know, so if like Anthony yeah. Anthony is doing a show at the B side on Tuesday night or something, that means that there's no way that he's going to come by Herald night or something. You know, that, so you right. don't have that same. I mean, that happened in the Colt show. Like Denny and Shark couldn't do it because they had to do cool shit that night. Yeah, and Cool Shit apparently was like really poorly attended that night because there was so much overlap of the audience that wanted to go see that had to go see right. the thing that was only happening for one night only. Right. Um, so bad enough, but not that bad. No. They, they, had, they, they, well, they, usually, they usually do it on another night. And they, they were out of town, so they changed it, and I was like, Yeah. I tried to protect you, yeah. and you crossed me anyway. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, when I think back though that that to that set with, um, well, you know, Secret Man Group had the Secret Fancy Show for a while, which I felt like yeah. I remember one of our first conversations was us talking about the fact that we I, I felt like Secret we were standing near we were standing near my parent the hotel my parents stay at right. when they're in town, and we were talking about how. What Jump on Three was trying to do with your show was similar to what Secret Fancy Show was trying to do with, like, try to book really good teams, good right. guests, put on a good show overall, and make it like a. Really, that was our first real conversation. Yeah, uh, it was raining. Yeah, mm. I remember that. So I remember saying how, like. I remember that. Because I remember talking about how uh, Secret Man Group always liked opening our shows. Right. And then making a sandwich that, so we knew we could set the tone for the show rather than a lot of times when we do other people's shows, they'd be like, oh, do you guys mind opening as if the opening slot was a bad slot? That's where right. people would put the, the junior varsity kind of team or right. something. And we were always like, no, let's, we open the show. And that means that the guest group has to like try to match the, the energy right. of it. Um, but the interesting thing was after the Seeger, the Seeger Fantasy Show, we all, we would it was like we would lose a little bit of money doing that show. Right. But I always felt like we're just paying a very small amount of money to do a show. Yeah. And then we started doing the Summit shows. Yeah. And those were a very ambitious thing. Which I like those. The only thing I didn't like about those that I was not involved in the Summit. Uh, you would have been at some point, but the problem with the Summit shows was I think we did maybe three of them. Yeah, I went to all of them too. You didn't go to the last one. No, I didn't go to the last one. And do you know how I know you didn't go to the last one? Oh. Uh, the last one, uh, we... It was, on, it was on some night where there was something else going on, though. Maybe. There was, uh, there, there was a... The last... Basically, what the way the summit worked was we would have Secret Man Group and Finale and Mudon, and then we'd have a guest group that we'd book. 
and then we had uh, Ben Warheit and Josh Sharp. And the idea was that the show was one big show. Right. It wasn't a bunch of groups. Together, We'd yeah. all make one show together. And the Josh Sharp and Ben Warheit would get a suggestion, and they would improvise a song off that suggestion, and that would be like the overture for the show. Right. The first group would perform a set, and then at a certain point, Don Finale and Catherine Mudon would weave their way into the set, and the first group would find a way of yeah. exiting. And this was all done in the round. And then at a certain point, the secret man group would find a moment once it felt like Finale and Mudon had completed their portion of the show. Right. Secret man group would, would filter their way into the show. We would have our set, and then as it neared a conclusion, the first group and Finale and Mudon would find their way back into... Uh, the show, and it would feel like one complete thing. The last time, the last show, our two prob that we had booked was, or the group that we had booked as guests was Kevin Hines and Sylvia Ozels. And we felt really good about getting them, because it felt like these are like two like top-tier veteran UCB performers. Right. And we felt like, oh, people are going to want to see them right. in this show. And when we got to, it was at Players Theater, when we got to the venue... Peter Shearer was the one who had always worked out the, the bookings for the venue, and he's always out with the venue. We got there, and there was some sort of New York comedy festival thing happening, and there was already a performance happening in the space that we had booked. And Peter was like on the phone saying, like, what's happening? And they're like, oh, you don't have a booking for this. And Peter had, like, the emails showing that we had the booking. He's like, we have booked this. And I'm like, well, we're very sorry, but there's nothing we can do. They already have a show going on. It's part of this... Uh, and so we were very upset, obviously, that we booked the space and now we had no place to do the show. And we're getting upset. We're all upset about this. And then there's a point where I'm like, guys, we have a bigger problem. Because we were so focused on, like, what are we going to tell all the people when they show up and we have no show to give them? And then at a certain point I realized no one has shown up for the show. And... Uh, I'm like, we have a much bigger problem, which is that we've been promoting the show for weeks, and we've been doing it for several months, and we we're trying to build a following. And I was like, guys, no one showed up to see the show. Like, we have this piece of bad news, but the worst news is that we have no one to tell that right. we have no show. Well, who are we gonna well, what are we going to tell these people that are here? And it's like, yeah. oh, the real problem is that no one, no is one here. to tell them that. Yeah, yeah it's, like we didn't, it's like a bakery that didn't get any supplies, but like the worst news is no one is coming to right. buy anything. Uh, and I think that was the last. That was the last time because we were just like, we can't do this anymore. <laughs> like we were just like, we've gotten to the point where we had zero. Right. Well, because even when I went to the first one, it was sparsely. They attended. were all sparsely attended. Like I think the first one, I was one of eight people. Yeah. yeah there were more people in the show than in the audience. Yes, that was for sure. At, to the point that I sat in a section all to myself to make it feel more spread out. I was, yeah. like, I was like, I'm going to sit over here just so it feels like all... Because it was in the round and there was a whole section that had nobody in it. Yeah. Uh, we had the third... I think it was the second or third show we had like a fuller audience. And it was funny because Nick Vitale went to that show, I remember. And yeah. he was like, J.D., why are you sitting over there alone? And I was like, I just, I'm just, uh, I just want to sit here. Like, uh -huh. Why are you sitting there? And I was like, I'm trying to, make, I'm trying to spread out the audience a bit. He's like... Oh well, we'll come sort of. And I was like, Duh. and then they ended up coming, and like that section was empty. Then and I was like, uh. and then I had to explain like, I just want to make it look. There's more people here, mm -hmm. and it was like this very awkward thing. Yeah, as if you were sending them away when you're really right. just trying to. I was like, I'm just trying to make this, the <laughs> trying to make... honor and all that make feel like there's more people here. <laughs> we did appreciate it. Yeah, 
I do remember now that you came. Thank you for coming to all those shows. I came to two of them. Well, I think, I think we only did three. Actually, I think we only performed three. We right. scheduled four of them. Right. Um, but that did kind of feel like a shocking come down from when we had our shows under St. Mark's and they were always pretty well attended. I think one of the problems with that was you took the like secret approach to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seemed exclusive instead of inclusive. What do you mean by secret approach? It would be like the summit. Come. It was like something about it. We were trying to intrigue people and we alienated them instead. Exactly. Which is something that I always have to dance with with all the things that I do with like the We Are Not A Blank shows. Yeah. But you basically have to do it where it's like at first you intrigue them and then you make it very clear what everything is and that you are a part of it and you're welcome. But I feel like there was a thing of like, what is that? Oh, I think that's this thing that they're doing. Oh. What is it? It's like, I don't really know. And then yeah. I end up going. It's like all of your promotion was like footage of mountains and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I just assumed that the people who had come to see our previous shows would also be interested in this. Right. And I think it was... But it was also maybe that we just had our run, you know? Right. And also there's something, when you don't book like a younger team, not even a young team, like inexperienced, but like a team that like... Like bringers. Or it's like there's something exciting about being like, not even bringers, just people that are going to talk a lot about it. Yeah. And be like, bring that energy to it of like, we get to perform with these guys. Yeah. I still think it's a good form to try. Yeah, I mean, it was a, another thing that I was secretly sorry about is that that was the thing that I had been planning for Jump on 3 because I wanted to do a big show where basically the whole thing was one massive yeah. show and I remember when you guys announced that I was like I feel like I told that to Connor and Jesse Lee and Josh Sharp and I was like okay you guys can do this idea I guess well for us it came more from parentheses right it was like the natural like Oh, Secret Man Group could do a thing that was like this, where the, way right. the show is its own thing. I'm not saying it was true. I'm just saying that was a part. A part of you was like, yeah. Oh, did I that s- I've been wanting to do. Did I say that? Yeah. I don't think we had talked about it. No, I don't. I mean, it was not that. It's not like a, it was a genius idea. It's not like a, you know. It was I mean? a genius idea. But I'm just saying it's not an idea that no one has ever had before. I was going to do a show that I called the, the Mega Herald, uh-huh. where. The first beats, second beats, and third beats are all different teams doing a full herald that are first, second, and third beats of those. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. So it's like the, everyone does an opening together, three teams. Uh-huh. And then the first team takes over and does a herald that is essentially the first beat. And then someone... Then, off of all the openings? Yes, but the opening is all things done together. And then everyone comes together and does a massive group thing uh-huh. that breaks down that theme. And then a team comes and does basically a, a second beat of that first herald. Uh-huh. Sort of a herald that heightens the ideas of that first herald as a second beat of the mega herald. And then someone comes in and does a third one of that. And then everyone comes in and does a giant, like, true third beat thing. I feel like that you'd have to practice that. I think it could just be like a crazy jam, crazy, chaotic, massive show. 
Um, when you said Mega Herald, my that ear sounds like it would work better. The thing that flashed into my head instantly is that you would do a Herald where the first, second, and third beats were each an hour long. Three mon- like mono scenes, like every scene is a mono scene. That'd be um, an interesting thing. Every if every scene, every beat, every scene is a, is a full mono scene, and then you do. Uh, so literally, you do the first one; it's an hour long. Uh, you take, <laughs> you do the second beat would be an hour long, the third beat would be an hour long. You do a, a half hour long group game, uh, and then you start doing hour long uh, second beats from the scenes that you did hours ago. Oh my god! Well, I the thing that I've I pitched to Nate a long time ago. I never heard back on, but now that Shannon is, has her reign, I'm going to pitch it to her once all the chaos of DCM uh-huh. wears away. I want to organize either a 24 or a 48 hour mono scene uh-huh. where it's a singular mono scene that takes place over 48 hours on stage. Uh-huh. And like you have scribes there, like drawing on a map of the stage, like what invisible objects are there, and like notes of like reality things that have taken place just that like and then you basically schedule like performers and teams to come in like oh yeah that's fun walk on and do like a half an hour I think that'd be really fun um yeah that would be fun like I always imagine it would be like examples like if you're like uh, the security guy <coughs> at like a concert or something mm-hmm. and it's just like 20 or like security guy at like the border it's like 24 hours of people coming in hello Matt Starr Matt Starr how are you I'm good how are you good yeah we're in the midst of 12 hour day okay we were just talking about jump on three. Oh, cool do you remember that um, I remember it fondly long time listeners will I'm sure we've mentioned Matt Starr before on the podcast now he's standing here in front of us you can go to www mattstar.com no, yeah no. or check out his own podcast Stars in Your Eyes that's, that's no that's S-T-A-R-R apostrophe S or you can see two problems with him and Alan Starzynski and it's called Matt Starzynski mm-hmm. oh, I could be real I <laughs> um, they're all real what's going on in your life Matt Star? Uh, not too much just got done coaching and uh, what for a run this morning Got it. Nothing that eventful. That's not for you guys. I like your shirts. I like your guys' t-shirts. Thank you. Is it, is it the main cringe you guys are both wearing 12-hour day Yes. T-shirts? Yeah, mine's red. His is turquoise. Mark Ledgerwood made them. And it's sent them around the world. Really? To fans, yes. They Had no charge. Around the world. Yeah, it's just a, a listener, fan, improviser, used to be person who listens, made them on their own volition. His name is Mark Ledgerwood. He's a great guy. And he sent them to people and then sent them to us. Okay. And that's now we have them. Well, yeah. I'm going to go get Chipotle. Do you guys have any recommendations for that place? We mentioned Chipotle and didn't gather. We went to Fresh and Co. Yeah. Why Fresh and Co? Because Connor's got a much pickier palate than I do. Really? Pickier palate. Doesn't I, eat vegetables. It's fun. I don't eat them for pleasure. What do you eat them for then? Nutrients. But he hate, do you eat, avoid them at all costs. Yeah, I won't if I'm out looking for, like, let's get something to eat. It won't be vegetables. Unless it's something like this, where they're ground up into a thing. 
So why wouldn't you want Chipotle then? Freshenko. I feel like Freshenko is more vegetables. I was only getting juice there because I had actually packed some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. <laughs> Yeah. Um, we're going to Staten Island Ferry at some point. Yeah. And I don't know. I think we're going to let the let the let the fates decide. Us. Oh wait, you got to make your conference call soon. Yeah, ten minutes. Do you want to book a special room for it so you don't end up with improv exercises in the background? Yeah, I'll go, I'll go see if I can book a room. Come sit down next to me for a second, Matt Star. Okay. I'm going to use the restroom. Here, you can have my laptop while I use the restroom. Yeah, uh, JD's taking off his mic and he's going to hand it to Matt Starr. And for a few minutes, listeners, you're going to get a vision of a world in which JD Amato never existed. Total hour day with Matt and Connor. What if JD was never born? That's a good question. I mean, I don't know that we know each other, right? Yeah, we probably wouldn't know each other. Because um, I, like I don't feel like Jump on 3 no. uh, would have happened. Parentheses would have had a different shape. Yeah, I feel like my life would be very different if JD didn't exist. How do you think... Now, give us your short bio. For listeners who don't know who Matt Star is, uh, my short bio. Give is, us a short bio. I grew up in a very small town in Ohio. I grew up in. I was born in a small town. <laughs> this is my melon camp. Life. Went to school in a small town. Um, All right. To, in where? In Ohio. Uh, in Ohio, yeah. I mean, that's melon camp country, right? Isn't is he, he Rust Belt? I mean, he's a Rust Belt. I don't know that Ohio can claim. Ohio is the Rust Belt. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you from? Columbus. I went to school in Columbus. Yeah. My family lives there now, but I'm from an hour north of there. An hour north of Columbus. Mm-hmm. What's the town? A town called Lexington. Lexington. The coal city. town? Uh, coal mining town? It was like a steel town. Steel town. And actually, the city of Mansfield that Lexington is a suburb of was uh, voted the worst city in America in like the mid-90s. Do you agree? Oh, uh, yeah, kind of. What's it like to grow up in the worst city in America? <laughs> uh, I mean, I grew up in a very pleasant... Like part, the best part of the, the worst. best part of the, worst, of the worst in America, um, but like it's big, just, there's just nothing to do. Like, like big fish in a small pound is kind of kind of like a good place and a terrible it's like, place. Like healthy horse and like a dying horse field. Yeah. <laughs> um, the uh, did you have a good childhood? Yeah, I would say a very sheltered childhood. Like there wasn't again nothing like, wrong with shelter. Yeah, as the Rolling Stones say, "Give me shelter." Yeah, that's what the, that's not what that song means. <laughs> That song... Uh, I think it's open to interpretation. That song is about a child who just wants a home. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Give me shelter, Mom and Dad. Yeah, give me shelter, Mom and Dad. <laughs> it's just a shadow guy. way. Uh, where did you grow up? You grew up Jefferson, Jefferson City, Missouri. That's not down south. Okay. Midwest. You consider Missouri to be Midwest? I mean, look on a map. I, see, I consider, I consider Midwest to be like Ohio, like the like Kentucky. I that's like, starts the south. That's I, northeast. That's below the Mason-Dixon line, isn't it? Part of it is. Uh, Missouri went half and half during the Civil War. North oh. Missouri went with the North, South Missouri went with the South. Mm-hmm. And you're from North Missouri? I'm from Mid-Missouri. Mid-Missouri? Yeah. So, like, where in relation to the Mason, are you North or South of the Mason-Dixon line? I mean, let me look. Is there a good web app, web app that I can look at that Mason-Dixon line? I believe the Google Maps is a solid Will it map show app? the Mason-Dixon line? I assume. I don't know. Uh, I mean, it never came up in conversation. Like, in my whole... Uh, my whole life, I've never been in Missouri, and they say, like, yeah, we're north of the Mason-Dixon <laughs> line. See, I feel like most decisions are made by that. Because in the Midwest, uh, here, I'll, there's a, a Yahoo Answers. It's funny, for all of Yahoo's, like, fall from prominence, mm-hmm. so you ask a lot Yahoo of questions Answers, online, yeah. Yahoo Answers is where... I just used Yahoo Answers last night. 
I had a whole bunch of potatoes that went bad, and I wanted to see... And you asked Yahoo why? And I wanted to know, like, if they have the little sprouty things growing out of them, are they still good? Are they still good? No. They're not? Uh, well, it depends. If they're soft, if they, like, become soft, then and they're no. bad. If they but still if they're are, hard... Like, they're hard... Because they'll, they'll happen pretty quick with potatoes. Yeah. Uh, um, the, and mine had gone soft, so my potatoes had gone bad. But, oh, as yeah. an Irishman, that story mm-hmm. is tragic. Yeah, no, I was really bummed. I had a whole bunch of bacon and I wanted to cook oh, it. Did you, what did you end up eating? I ended up really ruining a bacon grilled cheese sandwich. Put, Were you satisfied with it? Eh, not really. I could do better. I like flipped the sandwich one time and the whole sandwich came apart in the pan. Uh-huh. It was a real uh, silent movie farce. Oh, oh, brother. Yeah. Well, we wish you the best. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm, unfortunately, sometimes... Okay, so... Yeah, the whole continent west of uh, the Mason-Dixon line went from the Atlantic Ocean to the southwestern corner of Pennsylvania and ended there. So from then, the whole rest of the continent west of there was divided between slave states and free states uh, so that Mason-Dixon line didn't have any meaning that far west. Okay. Um, Culturally, uh, this person says it's usually been used as a description of the division between the north and the south, Mm -hmm. but the interior and western parts don't have that. Um, it was literally south of the Mason-Dixon line if you extended that line westward to the Pacific, which people don't tend to do even as a metaphor, so says this person. But north of the Missouri <laughs> Compromise... People do not even entertain this metaphor. <laughs> tend to. They do not tend to this even as a metaphor. But north, nope, sorry. north of the Missouri Compromise line, uh, except that it was a slave state... On the other hand, it stayed in the Union during the Civil War. Its status is so weird that applying the Mason-Dixon concept to it doesn't really seem useful. It's not useful. I mean, um, but, I mean, calling it not useful isn't really that helpful. I mean... I would, I would mark that Yahoo answer as not helpful. <laughs> well, you can. Hmm. Let's see if everyone, um, listeners of the podcast, uh, I'm going to encourage you to go to the Yahoo answer for... Um, just Google this. Google um, Mason-Dixon Line, Missouri. I'm enjoying myself greatly. <laughs> Google Mason-Dixon Line, Missouri, and go to the Yahoo answer for was Missouri considered above or below the Mason-Dixon Line. And you see if Matt Starr has gone ahead and marked that answer unhelpful or not, or if he's just a big talker. Find out if I'm all talk um, or and I let, can really spend time on the Internet. And let's, let's all go ahead and, and we would encourage people to go to that answer and express your opinion as to whether, whether you think it's helpful or not. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it really does feel like a half-and-half half, uh, yeah. state, though. Yeah. There are definitely elements of Missouri that feel like the South. I heard one of the things about the room. And also uh, elements that do not. Right. Now, I want to hear more about Ohio, though. You want to hear more about Ohio? You ever been to Youngstown? Um, I have been to Youngstown. I went to a wedding in Youngstown. Yeah? Um, yeah. I actually got uh, propositioned by... Uh, like, uh, do you remember, have you ever seen the movie um, Roadhouse? No, I haven't. Believe me, I haven't. So, like, Roadhouse is about this like old rich man who like runs this small town, and so like it was a guy who looked just like him and was just like him. I was at this bar after the wedding, and he walked up to me with these two like they must have been prostitutes, but the way that like 
again, like a steel town steel prostitute. Steel town prostitute. Um, and so like, he walks up, like an arm around each woman. He looks at me and my friends who had just been drinking at this wedding. And so we're all in like suits and stuff, like way overdressed for this, uh-huh. small, this towny bar. He looks at me and he goes, you want to come back to my house and find out what heaven is? <laughs> and, uh, oh, man. I just, like, I, like, thought about it, and then I was like, I don't want to know what heaven is. Now, when you say you thought about it... I thought, I was like, I was like... How do you respond? Honestly, if, if JD, like, this is honestly a moment in time when I'm like, when I think about JD, to be honest, because uh-huh. when somebody asks me to do something like that, like, JD's voice comes in my head and goes, do it. You have to do it. What's happening? Um, he was... I'll lean in close to Connor. Um, Matt said that he was in a steel town bar in Youngstown, Ohio, and a man a- approached him with two prostitutes, one on each arm, and, s- and asked him if he wanted to come back to his house and find out what heaven was like. That really <laughs> it really happened to and me. And what was your response? And my, my answer was just like, my, honestly, my honest response was like, I don't want to get into a fight at this bar, so I'm just going to say no thank you. Um, but honestly, like in your head was like your voice and like Gether's voice of being like, you have to do it. You gotta do, do it, it You man. have to do it. <laughs> and I just could, I like, it, I honestly like my, re- my two reasons for it were like, one, like don't get into a fight here because like, again, we're dressed in like suits when everybody else is wearing football jerseys. Right. And so like we automatically like stand out and people are like automatically like, uh, averse to us. Right. Um, and then... Uh, my other thought was this was the first time I ever had my own hotel room all to myself. Um, and I, it was right across the street, and I was like, I just get to go back and have like a whole hotel room all to myself. <laughs> and that was honestly like, that was more of what heaven was like to me at that time. Just than, have your own empty yeah, hotel room? Yeah, I have, I have then, my own hotel room, yeah. Then going toe-to-toe with some guy over two prostitutes oh, in the middle gosh. of nowhere. The, this woman, like, and again, the women were like, I'm old enough to be your mother. <laughs> like. And it was just like, I, you must have had kids really young. Like, I don't want to get into a fight. Please yeah. don't make me say yeah. anything that, that will offend you. Right. That's so funny. Mm. <laughs> Matt, do you recall, I think it was at one of the UCB, uh, we can bleep any of this out if I say something that goes over the line. Okay. I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable. Okay. But a thought just, a memory popped into my head because we've been reminiscing about various things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, brother. Wait, Sal, I have Sal. a big question for you. Yeah, what's up? Do you watch your a, mic question, a question that... Sal Gentile just walked in here, so we get, we're pausing. Yeah, Sal Gentile wearing a Broadway video shirt and looking very, uh, very I'm, sporting. I'm going to get a phone to let her up this. Okay, I recently looked someone up on Facebook that I was like, what happened to this person? Okay. The only mutual friend... I, in, I was shocked to see that I had two mutual friends with that person. Yeah. They were you and Jackie. What? And this person, who I'm so curious how you know this person, okay. is someone named Kempton Baldridge. What? <laughs> <laughs> you know Kempton Baldridge? How do you know this person? Um, Kempton Baldridge was on Jackie's improv team in college, and then we also, he and I, took theater classes together in college. We both went to, we went to Johns Hopkins, all three of us. Are you serious? Yeah. What is this guy like? He was, uh, prepo- he was a preposterous human being. No! Even then. Oh, I gotta take this phone call. All right, take yeah. the phone call. Oh my God, there's, that, how I know this person is so bizarre. That's very weird, I wanna know how you know him. Um, 
Hey guys, I feel like you, the story doesn't have any resonance with you guys because <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You don't even know. This I don't person. know who Kempton Baldridge is. Any possible details that I could offer you would f- seem only mildly fascinating in the abstract. Uh, for longtime listeners and viewers of this podcast, uh, just some perspective: Google uh, Sal Gentile. It's spelled like Gentile, yes. but he doesn't choose to pronounce it that way, <laughs> even though that's the. F- I actively choose not to pronounce it that way. But. It's not just casual, just nonchalant disregard Does, any, does anyone in your family pronounce it Gentile? Not a single one. But, the, you know, whenever I hear you say Gentile, yeah. and I'm actually bastardizing it saying that because you don't you soften the G. You soften the Gentile. G. Gentile. <laughs> Gentile. 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 a pronunciation to this day I've never heard. Gentile. And I've heard a lot of them. You've just Sal invented a new one. Gentile. Yeah. But I feel like that's the logical next step. If you're going to call it Gentile, you might as well say Sal Gentile. <laughs> It does, give it a you're little, always making it sound like one name. Sal like Jean, Ronaldo. Sal like, Gentile. Like, like or it Taylor. sounds more like a greeting, like Sal Gentile. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, we're too loud. Um, we're too loud, even though we're using body mics, so we don't need to be loud. No, we don't need um, to. I, I don't know if this thing is, it is on. directional. or. Like, Have a seat on the little purple oh, cube. Um, why don't you like uh, pronouncing it Gentile? Because it sounds aggressively Christian. anti-Semitic. <laughs> Because it sounds like I went out of my way, or my family went out of their way to call themselves the Gentile. Because of the combination with Sal? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, that's as good an answer as I could have ever hoped for in terms of like being like, yep, oh, yep. That's the most straightforward answer. I mean, also, it raises a question every time. Like, if I introduce myself as Sal Gentile, every time that I introduce myself to someone, they would say, wait. You mean like non-Jew, like Christian? <laughs> and I would have to. That would be a conversation, though. I would have to participate yeah, in. Every see, if you were to say that name where I'm from in Ohio, people would be like, "Okay, great." <laughs> Nobody would be like, "Oh, so nice to meet you." Yeah. <laughs> oh, we are too. They would say. But in the but in the here's what I'm wondering though is like some people are always looking for like conversation starters. Mm-hmm. Ways of like, and that's a great one. It's like people have like things on their coffee table that are just designed here, I, to be. I will tell you, I think you're right, but I think I get the value of the conversation starter, like the aspect of it that naturally begs questions without actually all of the negative connotations of calling myself Gentile. Yeah. Because I still have people say, oh, like, Gentile. I spell it and they go, wait, like Gentile? Like the yeah. word? But I wasn't the one who initiated that. They are the ones who noticed it. I'm just saying this. If you've been going, I know you're doing well. Uh, for those of you who own televisions, uh, uh, Sal works, he's worked on uh, serious journalism programs before. He ventured into light journalism entertainment with Up, Up Late at Night with uh, Alec Baldwin's show. And now he works in late night comedy on uh, Late Night with uh, Seth Myers, which I've been watching regularly. It's really good. Oh, thank you. Uh, That's very good. Thank and, and this is in a, uh, I, I'm, I'm never on the same day with it because I'm, in a, it's ruined my DVR. My decision to DVR Letterman because I don't want to miss this last year of yeah. Letterman, yeah. and to DVR Late Night because I know so many people who work on it has ruined my DVR. I'm a constant 97 Is to 100 percent. I'm just like, oh, I gotta watch a couple of late nights <laughs> because because I'm always at. I need to get it down to 97 so it doesn't. I don't come home and find out it didn't take things because I'm at 100. Wait, what do you mean get? I don't have it. I don't DVR things. So what do you mean get down? You to can 97? fill it to 100 percent full DVR, and oh. I'm, I'm always. I'm, you're filled because you're DVRing something that's every single day. That's, that's every night of the week. Um, Two things. So so uh, so, uh, don't cry for Sal, listeners. He's doing I fine. Yeah. In you fact, get, I have a Gentile story related to late night, which oh. is 
which is that um, it's a, like occasionally I have I have run-ins with you know, people of note, celebrities, and uh, one person in particular just belt uproarious laughter as soon as I spelled my name for them. Yeah, this was the uh, actors, uh, the actor who you may know from. Yes. He is now starting in a wonderful production of. One of the best people I've ever interacted yeah. with. He was genuinely a very nice, for a second. funny guy. But he and and I, I think because he was like a nat, he's naturally. I think he's a. I would from interacting with him. I think he's a comedian before being an actor because he has such wonderful comedic instincts. And he immediately heard my name, and was like, "Wait, that was hilarious." He had the he same reaction I had when yeah. I first heard. He thought it was hilarious, and he said, "Like, are you marketing yourself that way? Like, are you marketing yourself as like the only non-Jew in American comedy?" <laughs> And I said, I, I should do that. I didn't have a good rejoinder. I was honestly bowled over by the fact that he was doing a bit with me, essentially. So yeah. I, could, I couldn't guess Andy. Well, this is great because I thought we were about to get... I thought you were, we were about to get our first serious, hardcore blind item no. of the podcast. That oh. You were like, a certain actor. And they, I, would, I just said but it. But I'm very glad that you... It's a good story. It's a great story. He, he comes off great in yeah. it. You come off great in it. Yeah. But that actually... What he said is the point I was about to make, which is that don't... Sal doesn't okay, want. Kind of trying to align himself with. This is what I was going to say. <laughs> anyways, like, see that we think we're, both Irish. So much. we're both Irish. We're, we're both Irish. <laughs> we're both Irish. We're both have Irish citizenship. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you? So does Sal, Sal doesn't. Sal doesn't. <laughs> Sal doesn't want or need your pity. He's doing quite well. But I will say this: if you'd been marketing yourself as Sal Gentile, you'd have your own show by now. <laughs> But what kind of show do you think it would be? See, I think it might be some sort of like weird, edgy, like a red eye on Fox News at three, 3 in the morning. Like, it would do great on Sal Fox Gentile News. Sal Gentile with like, yeah. like very controversial opinions. He'd be hosting Fox News' response to The Daily Show. Yeah, I'd be like burning people like from a weird ideological standpoint that I'm not myself comfortable no, with. No, you've got too much integrity for that. I you, wouldn't do it. N- no, uh, the, you'd have your own version of The Five. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Uh, you'd, oh boy! You're uh, you'd be, no, you'd nightmare. be like the funny Greg Gutfeld, you know. Uh, I don't want to be the any Greg. Gutfeld. No, he's the worst. I don't even want to be the anti Greg Gutfeld. I try not to be negative on this podcast about stuff, yeah. but he's so seriously unfunny that it hurts me. Yeah. And it, I get pained to see someone on TV in a con. And I realize it's all context. Like he's the funniest person in a severely unfunny, badly produced television mm-hmm. show. But it's still so painful to see someone that funny have any yeah. kind of megaphone. Well, I mean, it's a quality that most successful... There are a lot of successful shows that are successful because of the ways in which they're bad. Yeah. So. No, I think you'd have a good show with the name Sal Gentile. I don't think you'd... I think because I think you'd, you'd, I mean, you'd hold out and they would want that name so bad they'd be I'm, willing to let you do a quality I'm, show with it. I'm going to keep it as a quiver in my... In my just satchel. A, just in case. So, like, if you get to a certain point, you're like, time to... It's just not ch- happening for me. I'm going to wow. switch it up. Wow. Um, I, I massively... I'm curious just to know. Uh, am I, did I massively interrupt something, like, serious going on when I when This I is the fourth episode of 12-Hour Day with that, J.D. and Connor. I didn't know it was the fourth one, actually. Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're gearing up toward the I immediately assumed, if for no other reason, then you're wearing the T-shirt, which I don't know if anyone has... Yeah. I'm sure it's been broke. I also, point, I also okay. pointed out when I walked. Out. Okay, and uh, honestly, it did occur to me that it was, you were doing it as a service, like you were letting people know, "Hey, I'm recording the podcast right now by wearing the T-shirt." Yeah, and so that they would uh, immediately know to participate. Like when JD called me over, I didn't even question. I was just like, "Okay, well, I guess I'm on the podcast now." Right. I'm not even here for any particular reason. I stopped to get water. I think water. you are. <laughs> I think you are. You didn't you know. Think it was I think predestined. You, and the thing is, uh, far from interrupting something, like 
any interruption during this is like, oh, good, this is like buys us <laughs> some time. Like, this is con- like, I see a person, I just feel like, oh, you have content inside of you that you can just <laughs> spill into our podcast. Do you have a sense of uh, how many people listen to this podcast? I don't know in terms of raw numbers. I do know in terms of the enthusiasm of those people that I know are listening. Right. That uh, it's more than I thought because I genuinely thought when we did once we announced the first one that we've right. done, I thought the reaction was going to be like okay, right. no one's listening to the, right. you for 12 hours. Right, right, right. So I'm surprised that not only are there people listening, there are people who, that when we said, like, hey, can someone tell us what we talked about in the last one, <laughs> that the response was a moment-by-moment breakdown of the entire 12 hours that someone posted online of, like, these are the things that you talked about over the 12... And it was, like, detailed to the point of, like, what a, a lawyer and a judge would want if, <laughs> if they were, like, if we need to... See, they if will, and when they, they subpoena the <laughs> podcast... Uh, well, uh, uh, oh. this is somewhat unprecedented that we've lost JD. He's on a business meeting call. Is it a, is it an official like business meeting like yeah like like professional call professional? Now, do you think he's it's possible that he staged it so that we would talk about the possibility of him having a professional call and people might admire the fact that from a status point of view that he's on a professional business call? Right now? I mean, anything's possible. I don't <laughs> think it's that. Because it has... I don't dis- think it's that either. It's disrupted our... Certainly JD would not do that. No. It's disrupted our, our, our day. I mean, there is... In, in quantum physics would tell us there is a universe in which that's exactly why he did it. <laughs> right, sure. Uh, there is a reality in which he staged it. In this reality, it's thrown off our rhythm somewhat in that we were going to... The original plan was we were going to ride the Staten Island Ferry back and forth all day. Now we're just having to figure out, can, are we going to make it to the Staten Island Ferry at all? What time did you start? How long? What hour? Was it at 12.30? Okay. So it's 5.30 now? Right. So you're ending at 12.30 a.m. Yeah. You certainly have plenty of time to go to the Staten Island Ferry and back. It's true. But I w- uh, the whole idea was like to get on there and then have the experience and just back and forth, back oh, and forth, right. like for just doing it once like 10 hours. Kind of once feels like, yeah. We want to be on it to the point where we start getting into a rhythm with it. Right. And, we're like, and we start judging the people who are on it. Like, you guys are just along for a quick jaunt. <laughs> we live here. Like, I have that feeling. Matt, how did you end up? In this position. He was going to go to Chipotle and get some food, and we yeah. I shanghaied him for a second. Um, yeah, I was just coaching, and I'm in between meetings right now, yeah. Again, I was starting to say something, which I said, we can bleep this out. <laughs> I don't want to make him comfortable. What you're going to say, yeah. uh, I don't remember, I don't know why this flashed into my head. I think it was you telling the story about those two prostitutes. Yeah. Um, which is uh, weird. Uh, he was propositioned by some prostitutes. Uh, well, not I, don't know, their I don't know that they were prostitutes. They were, they were women dressed in way too tight of dresses. Oh, so maybe you're I'm just... I'm guessing that they What did they say to you? What was, what was the nature they, of the proposition? The nature of, it was after a wedding, and the man, the old like movie villain who was mm-hmm. like had his arms around both of them, was like, you want to come back to my house and find out what heaven is? <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> were they at the wedding? Were they like... They were, no, this was at the bar after the wedding. Wait, was this... What... This was a wedding in Youngstown, Ohio. He asked me if I'd ever been to Youngstown, Ohio, and that's my only experience in Youngstown. Wow. You, first of all, mm-hmm. story-wise, content-wise, you nailed that question. <laughs> you just simply asked the question, had you ever been to Youngstown, Ohio? Yeah, what's your interest and in Youngstown, And you, Ohio? little did you know that there was a font of specific mm-hmm. and rich and fun, oh, interesting yeah. information. All I know me. about Youngstown, Ohio is that I like that Bruce Springsteen song. Here <laughs> uh, in Youngstown. Um, it's a good song. You heard it? I have heard it, yeah. I love that. It's a good song. Yeah, not my experience. <laughs> um, the memory that I have is at a uh, UCB New Year's party a few years ago at whatever oh, it is yeah, they have I know those. What you're talk about. <laughs> really? And I don't know why you I started, started this. this bit. I started this bit, which was 
you were you were making out with a woman, <laughs> and I decided that it would be funny if I told everyone that it was your sister. <laughs> now this is not my normal style. Mm -hmm. I don't know why it was you in particular that it was. And it was mostly on Facebook, like. It was, it was mostly through Facebook that this bit got around. So not only was it... I, I think it was because it was so obviously, like, not a true thing. <laughs> because it was so public. I think it was the fact that your the making out was so public. Right. That Which I thought is, it would be even funnier if it was also I a mean, forbidden thing that you were in that. like... I, I am in a very happy relationship right now. I have a girlfriend who... Yeah, I don't want to poison that one. Um... But, uh, but she needs. Oh, is, do you think there's a chance she'll listen to this podcast and it will? You didn't tell her you, were, don't, but she, you were the first like, person she kissed, saying, right? What's that? You didn't tell her she was the first person <laughs> no, you kissed, I did right? Not tell her that. Okay. Nor she, I. Because um, I don't want her to get <laughs> six hours into a podcast and then drop that bombshell. Um, no, she. Uh, uh, and I'm, my only point for bringing that up is that like this was a period in my life when I was want to do that sort of thing. Yeah. And I am no longer in that mode. We understand you're not the wild Matt Star of two or three years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it is. It's, it's embarrassing for just this reason. Like, We've all seen and I think admired how you've changed and evolved. <laughs> oh, God, you've that's evolved. so horrible. How long have you been in your current relationship? Uh, about a year and a quarter. Hey, so you're in it. Yes. You know? Yeah. Like, um, yeah. But, yeah, the... Uh, the that specific time it was it was somebody who I met at the party and who like I mean I remember finding it strangely hilarious because I think it started it was an offhand remark I made to whoever I was standing next to that I'm like like I can't believe that and I turned and I said that's Matt's sister <laughs> and I think it was I admit I was not was part like, of, I don't think I was part of the Facebook aspect of the bit really I don't think so. See, I thought that the bit, I thought it found it extra funny that not only was there a bit happening at a party, that it was happening exclusively on Facebook. <laughs> oh, but it was someone else started it on their phone on Facebook, which okay. I don't know at that time whether I had a phone that was Facebook capable. I feel like that, that was one of the last parties at the Lyceum, though. Yeah, it um, was. And so it was a specifically, like, I remember a lot of, like, there was, like, that weird, uh, like, floating shark that yeah. was, like, going uh, up. Yeah, Matt, Matt Mayer was uh, mm -hmm. controlling that shark. Mm -hmm. That, uh, there was, so there was, like, a shark floating oh, above everybody. Oh, one of everybody. those things that, uh, there was, like, the video advertising it was, like, an internet craze for a little right. while. What were those called? Um, I don't remember now. But it was, so, like, it was a specifically, like, I remember, like, surreal. That wasn't the one, there was, the one two years prior to, there was, like, a lot of, I feel like any time there was a party at the Lyceum, it was, it always became especially sorted. Um, there was the, there was the year before when I, uh, well, first there was the party, the last UCB New Year's party where I busted the pipes in the back hallway. That was and you? The, yeah. Wait. Uh, uh, God, I probably shouldn't say that. Anyway, where I took a hammer and I no, busted. No, I can't. <laughs> I'm joking, of course. Could, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. Someone did it and it ruined parties at UCB that forever. Was you. I do like every now. I, that's a joke I've done before because. Okay. Uh, I always like saying that I slip into the conversation because everyone's always like, as if I, like enough times passed that that wouldn't be a problem. Of yeah. course it would be. Whoever did that is ruined the second they find out who it is. Right. After they ever do. Yeah. But I usually follow it by saying that there was the year that I busted the pipes in the back hallway at UCB and then I couldn't parties there and then there was the next year where I stole all those purses and wallets <laughs> because that was the thing that went wrong at the following year's party was that they had the party there and then someone, uh, hey, uh, long time listener and viewer Casey 
has just walked into the uh, training center. Come on over. We're recording the podcast. I know it looks like we're not because JD is nowhere to be seen. Yeah, that's Casey, say hello and be on the hey. podcast. Well, hey, 12 Heads, what's up? This is, this is one of the top 12 Heads. She's been with us from the very beginning of, of uh, the podcast. Uh, and uh, do you have anything you want to say to yourself when you're listening to this um, podcast? Casey, you should probably be reading on the train instead of listening to this podcast, but keep on listening. Okay. All right, some contradictory advice to herself yeah. from the uh, past. Don't listen to past or future Casey. That's right. <laughs> Where, what are you here for, a class? Um, or? I have practice. Practice. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, have fun. Um, yeah. So, but something just, bad always did happen at those parties. Mm-hmm. For for I don't think they happen now. I don't think bad things happen at the parties now, do they? But for a couple of years, it felt like oh, something terrible always happens. <clears throat> I feel like I feel like at the at one of the Irish Times parties, like somebody had to leave to go to a hospital or something like that. Mm. Something always happens. But is that like, what they are now at the Irish Times? Uh, that's where Tesla has had them. Yeah. I think this last year was the first time that I just didn't do anything. You didn't do anything for New Year's? No. What did you do at midnight? I either remained awake or went to sleep. <laughs> Those are your two options, I, think, I guess. Yeah. I haven't been to any of the UCB New Year's parties. What do you do on New Year's? Um, there were a few years... I'm not... I just feel very, like... Big, huge parties with a lot of people give me a lot of anxiety, so... I know, even though they seem, even though all my friends are there, and like individually, I love to hang out with those people. The like mass of people gives me a lot of anxiety. So, um, so instead, I do something extremely quiet. The only, really, most times we've been at either my parents' house or Jackie's parents' house. The one most interesting thing we did this past New Year's was we went on a trip somewhere, and we were there for New Year's. We went, we just went upstate. Oh, cool. Which was nice. It was nice to actually do something. But it was just the two of us. I'm not, yeah, I'm not a party person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, when I have gone to the Irish Times ones, I always have a tendency to start heading home at about 11 <laughs> because, uh, like, I've seen everyone that I want to see. I'm like, well, I could stick around and we could all yell numbers and then I could live through the nightmare of getting home or I could go home now before everyone leaves. Right? Yeah. Like, uh, you guys are that's like the way like a sociopath like describes parties, right? Of like, and <laughs> uh, why are you yelling these numbers when the time changes? <laughs> we could sequentially count down from an arbitrary you decided. Yeah. You're like you're proving right now that you're an alien. And <laughs> I'm trying my best to r- display emotions at you, <laughs> and now you treat me this way. Why? Um, the, uh, well, no, I've never understood. You know, there's that phenomenon, and you'll see particularly if you're at a big concert. That there's a point where like the encore start and people start leaving because they want to beat the traffic, right. and I've always been like, why did you come to the con? Like you obviously you don't like this concert yeah. because you're missing good songs, mm-hmm. just so you don't have to be in traffic. Yeah. Uh, but I do feel that way about New Year's, which is mm-hmm. that I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm not that big a fan of this yeah. New Year's, uh, like of the New Year's experience. Uh, it's not. It's not the best holiday. I don't think it's a special. I, do, I love New Year's. I do. Really? Yeah. I don't, uh, I do like seeing, I like anything where the whole UCB community kind of, you get a lot of people in one place. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just not like a, now I sound like a <laughs> plotting something. I like to get all the, I like seeing all the important people I in like one to, place. I like to have all the most valuable, interesting people conveniently in one location. Um, no, I just like to, it's just nice to like see people that you're like, oh, I don't see you normally, I don't see you normally. You know, like there's people right. that, mm-hmm. because, you know, 
you get into a, a rhythm where like your team performs on a certain night, you see the people who perform on that night, you maybe don't see people who perform on other nights, and maybe you used to see those people a lot. Um, and I feel like DCM is a better version of that than yeah. the New Year's oh, yeah. party. Yeah, but DCM also happens in June, and then you know it's a long time between then and New Year's. Sure, that's true. I guess you get two of them yeah. every six months. Well, that and also I feel like because DCM is a whole weekend, like you can kind of chill out and like dig in with people. I feel like it's New just Year's, a little more relaxed. Yeah. yeah, I feel like New Year's, especially this past year. That I was just drinking, and I would, I was just having the same like, oh hi, how are you, and then like walking away yeah, from people yeah. like doing that. Yeah, that like, doesn't sound that fun. It was a lot of fun. Well, in a crowded place, that ping, kind of ping, very quick ping ponging happens a lot yeah. because people are moving through, and it's very hard to just like st- stand somewhere and talk. Like, yeah. that's the amazing thing about the new party space that we that TCM moved to last year is like there's enough space that you could just stand and talk to people for right. an extended period of time. Which um, is what I like, the, I found the company picnic this year to be very overwhelming. Because I've never gone to those. It's always been mm. too sunny out. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've always think I'm going to go. There's just really no thing to do. <laughs> no, I, every time, every time I one of those things happens. It's always been too beautiful outside. <laughs> you know, like hot, where I'm like, oh, I don't want to go all the way to Brooklyn. Because yeah. it, it is really far. Because from Woodside to there, it's I like okay, that, yeah. 90 minutes to get there, 90 minutes to get back. So I went three hours just of getting to and fro the picnic just to be in the sun. Mm-hmm. It's like not, the there's sun? little reward for a lot of... Do you like the sun? Do you like being in the sun? I love being in the sun. Why? Yeah. You're not... You're sort of a palish person by nature, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't you fry? Don't you just burn? No. It's, it's good for you. You, want, you should... The sun gives you vitamin D. I know, but you're... As long as you protect against it, right, take yeah. measured protections against it. I also was like a no, lifeguard. Lotion, lotion yeah. all over? Suntan lotion, yeah. I used to be a lifeguard too, so I used to spend the summers just getting like crisp golden brown. I just don't. I don't like so, lotion. I don't like having to put lotion all over. This is the. This is my continual thing. In the. It is a hassle. Yeah. It's a huge but hassle. It's worth. Do you like the beach? Um. I feel like that's. That's. Like, I like some beaches. Like, uh, I I like the beaches in Ireland. Uh, <laughs> that like. Where do we go to? Uh, the <laughs> you're really trying to align yourself. <laughs> I like those beaches where it's not too sunny out, it's not too hot out, but you're at the beach and it's kind of nice. Beaches where it's so hot that when you walk on the sand, it burns. Why would? Uh, also, a lot of American beaches are disgusting. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> here's the thing: in the winter time. I know a lot of people don't like when it's snowy and icy and their winter has its pitfalls. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to wear a special lotion all over you to prevent from you getting... Have, but you do have to wear all kinds of other special things, right. all kinds of yeah. special equipment just to walk outside. Yeah, it's, but you don't have to I rub... Yeah, winter wear, is vastly wear. superior, almost according... I think as objectively as you can get to measuring anything, I think winter uh-huh. is vastly superior to spring and summer. I think there's strong you like evidence. You like no, vast. Sorry, oh. I'm saying superior. I, I mean, inferior. inferior yeah. um, I apologize. I mean, you you said the other thing twice. <laughs> Did I say superior? You, you said, said superior you said twice. twice. Wait, wait, wait. Do I like winter? <laughs> you do. <laughs> do I, I mean, like the fact is, whatever you said now, in any in any normal context, in the context of like a political debate, you're already have lost. I already. Said. What I said has already said been it, repeated on Fox News. You said it so. Or the equivalent of the the. Uh, the problem is like you lined up. 
and you you swung. <laughs> you just you. I really you did everything. Swing. Yeah, that was an own goal. Like yeah, that was yeah. just like a, a, you were so. <laughs> and emphatic. it was a beautiful own goal. Yeah. but I, I roped were, it into were, my own net. You were so emphatic in the way you said it. We said, I just want to make sure that everyone hears what I'm saying. Winter is vastly <laughs> superior in every way that you can measure. Um, that was a real, uh, yeah, that, that was a real corporation of their people, too, Mark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, here, here's what I would say. I would agree with your first point, which is that winter is vastly superior um, because you don't have to... See, I mean, this is the worst part of this now is that I have my right. ideological foes agreeing with me. Right, yeah. um, I know you have to bundle up for warmth in winter, but, and there are things you have to do, but there's something that's... Uh, too intimate about having to having to rub lotion all over your skin. It's the closest thing to rubbing it on your soul, and uh, and. Why don't you want lotion on your soul? I don't want lotion on me. If I don't want to have to wear lotion. If there was a product called Soul Lotion, mm-hmm. in which you could sort of protectively coat your soul, I wouldn't want to rub lotion <laughs> on my soul. Uh, what I'll say is this: There's no. You've never heard of anyone being like, "I have to put lotion on myself to because otherwise I'll get cancer from the snow." <laughs> Uh, you do have to, you wear frostbite. Can't, yeah. You could get frostbite. Yeah, I mean, the winter could do bad things to you. You could slip on the ice yeah. and crack your head open. Your brains would go everywhere. And, uh, but in the summertime, everyone smells worse. People don't smell worse in the wintertime. When it's really cold, it doesn't activate bad winter body smells that go. Sure. Like every subway that I go into smells like human body odor now. Mm-hmm. And it's because of summertime. And, Getting warm from cold, like if, 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 with any extreme, it's bad. If you get really cold, it's terrible. But when you're kind of cold, like when you're the cold equivalent of how hot it is outside mm-hmm. now, and then you come inside, you warm up, I can get back to normal pretty quick. Like I can be like, take off my coat, take off my hat and scarf and everything, and pretty soon I can be feeling normal. But in this kind of heat, I'm really like, I really need to start my whole day over and take a shower and get new clothes because the summer and the heat and the sweat has ruined me for the day. Well, this is just a case where individually you're not as equipped, well equipped as most people, I think, to endure the summer. Like you just, it, you, this is a problem you don't for swe- you. You don't sweat in the summertime? I do, but it, I, it but dries. you don't mind it. It honestly feels good to sweat. You should sweat. Human beings should Yeah, should your body's, sweat. Your body's Are you misspeaking again? Yeah. Are you misspeaking again? No, no, no. This is, this is a viewpoint that I will, act, I will, I will, uh, Definitely. But you, you, so you, you get that I agree. I agree that I'll du- I will double down on this. People should sweat. So in the wintertime, are we holding in too much sweat? I think there's. Uh, I mean, I think that's maybe linked to why we get sick so much in the wintertime. You get sick much more. Often. No, you get sick because you're in warm spaces when you go inside, and that's where that's you're where you get close, sick. But you're just generally more in close proximity to other people who are sick. Um, but. And um, summertime, you can't tell you're sick because it's so miserable being in the summer that uh, you don't even notice when you are. People don't notice when they're sick because summer's so terrible that <laughs> it no doesn't matter that you're sick. What you just said was... You, you, did, you, you started more. out with accurate information. You walked up to the precipice and then you just jumped You said over. you get more sick in wintertime because you're around people. Yeah. No, but, no, no, but in reality, and scientists haven't figured out a way to measure this yet, everyone's more sick in the summertime but they don't realize it because they have summer madness. I hate when you speak for scientists. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I'm no scientist, but no, I'll tell you what science is. Um, and that's the kind of folksy. That's the kind like, of folksy I wisdom. I like folk science. Uh, but, but, you know, like, so you'd rather, you don't mind being walking around with dried sweat all over you. No, 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 no. You love it. I prefer, 
I, I sweat in the winter too because you have to wear so much wool and protective clothing and that kind of thing that you still sweat in the winter too but that's a more disgusting sweat I hate this feeling of sweat and then when you take off layers it's cold and now you're sweaty and it's cold I, I don't prefer sweat the, the sweat and it's nice and you just get to be like mildly uh, uh, like athletic you can go outside you can even mm-hmm. you know it just you just well, feel like yeah a don't you like being I, mildly athletic just no even I'm not mildly, mildly athletic. athletic you're lucky in that you're mildly athletic <laughs> Uh, I'm not gifted like that. I'm not even mildly athletic. Um, I just uh, I hate summer so much. Makes me sad. Summer makes you sad. Summer makes me sad. Like Lana Del Rey. Is that a song by her? Mm-hmm. Well, she's right. Who is this Lana Del Rey? I'm not. I know the name, but I'm not really familiar. She's smart. Oh, I really am not equipped to answer that question. Uh, <laughs> she's smart. I would hate to disparage her if she right. answers. It's not smart. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Um, anyway, I kind of want to apologize for starting that bit, even though you didn't mind. It was fun, right? Yeah. A couple of years ago? Oh, you know, I don't mind that. I mean, that's the other side of doing something like that is like, oh, everybody's Everyone is looking. This, everyone yeah. can see. Yeah. Um, and it's it's regrettable, but it's also like, yep, that happened. No, no sense I, in being like it didn't happen. Yeah. Did I just miss that? There was this Facebook bit where people were saying you were you were. I don't know that we were even Facebook friends then. Like, I it think, might not have been. I this, feel like, yeah. uh, I feel like I had just that party I feel like I had maybe just gotten on Deckard no yeah I'm not sure when that would have been yeah I don't know when that was no. the years all blur together now don't they yeah they do um so Matt you're generally doing well generally yeah and Sal things are good for you things are things are great are you having fun in late night I am having fun yeah, yeah. it's a lot of fun and I just started a two week hiatus Oh, you're on two-week hiatus now. Yeah. That's cool. So I'm getting a lot of... Well, that's good news for my DVR. <laughs> yeah. Right? Well, yes, it is. You can take a little bit of a break. You can catch up. Yeah. No, I, I can't take Although a break. Although there's really good repeats on. You know, that is the smart thing. DVRs should figure out a way to tape the repeat weeks of talk shows because... Talk shows, late night talk shows don't rerun the bad episodes. They just rerun. Yeah, they're all good. Like episodes. if you only watched a few weeks a year of Letterman, you would watch the rerun weeks because that's when they pile in like the best episodes. That'll kind of be your best of right there. Yeah. You know, you're nodding your head because you worked on Letterman. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, this is a real late night. This is kind of a late night round table. A late night round table. I mean, uh, Sal has a much more involved position than I ever had. Uh, if you want and to I'm at the fringe of it, being on a late, working, <laughs> operating the camera basically now on a late night cable access. Show. Wait, do you operate the camera on the gather chest? Yeah, I've been operating the camera for the past few months. Uh, I, I, by choice, um, I decided I, I would always go and I would always go and watch the show. I know this isn't the case, but I like imagining that you were demoted from whatever you were doing before. To, well, you weren't like you didn't. Whatever you did wasn't bad enough or deficient enough to fire you. It made you operate the camera as a punishment. Uh, well, the thing is. Uh, well, I did an ASCAT recently that uh, Shannon realized that a lot of the people who were on the team were all connected. She was like, oh, a lot of Gether Show people are here tonight because like Murph and Kolsky and people were there. <clears throat> and then when she got around to introducing me, she said, and Connor, who operates the camera? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I was, when I don't have bits in the show, I would always watch the show from uh, the studio. And then I would, during the musical numbers, I got into the habit of going into the control room to watch JD like, call the shots. And there was one week where JD was like really mad 
or not mad, but he kept saying like, "This is not good, guys." Like he just kept repeating the phrase, "Guys, this is not good. Guys, guys, this is not good." And I was like, I expressed to JD that I'm like, yeah, "It would be fun to operate the camera, but I don't want to like go through the whole training process. But it would be fun to do that." And what I found out was they have the robot cameras there that you can operate with remote, yeah. and they have the two studio cameras. But they didn't As have I know from doing the presidential roundtable. That's right. Mm-hmm. The, uh, and they didn't. Uh, they just didn't have enough people to ha- operate all the cameras. So, so I was like, well, I would do it if I didn't have to do all that training. And he was like, oh, I can authorize you to operate the camera. Like, you're, I authorize you. And so... The next week, it was announced that I was going to operate the camera, and Gethard was very wary about it. He denies it now, but Gethard came up to me at one point, and he was like, I think he thought I was going to do a bit to sabotage the show or something, and Gethard was like, what you're doing, it's not right. It's not, it's not cool. And That's a pretty solid Chris Gethard voice. Yeah, too. and he was like, and at one point I was asking JD a question, and it was like 20 minutes before the show, and Gethard came to me and he's like, this is why like, you should not be asking JD questions like JD has work to do like he can't be teaching you how to run a ca- how to operate the camera uh, but then I just kept I keep doing it I have fun doing it it's just like a fun way of watching the show mm-hmm. for me re- yeah. really is like uh, trying to get capture the shots and follow it along um, but it is very useful to learn about that stuff mm-hmm. I, I'm not learning it as a there won't be any show that would allow me to operate a camera but even you're learning, like, even just about, like, shot choices in the live. Yeah. But I'm never going to do anything that would need that information. Well, you never know. If you, if you, 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 um, even from the, like, creator, producer, writer perspective. Yeah. Like, even just in my capacity, I learn a lot about shot choices during the show. It's not something I have to do or I'm obligated to do, but, like, yeah. just being a, re- like, Later, when you have to like edit something and you're trying to decide, like, oh, how we should change the line cut or something like that, or take this shot here or that. Like, I did a lot of that on the Baldwin show. Yeah. Too. Mm-hmm. It's just useful to know because it's easier to communicate with if you do find yourself in a capacity where you're you have you're exercising some sort of like creative control over how things look. It's good to be able to have that vocabulary and that language. Yeah. To communicate to the more technical people, like, here's what I want it to look like. Take this camera, change the line cut, that sort of thing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. You just you're just doing it because it's fun. Yeah, and the weird thing is that uh, when I've had to do bits on the show, I've been like, "Well, who's going to run the camp?" Like, I it's actually taken a weird priority over the thing I should actually be prioritizing, which is like, "Oh, you, we were having you do a bit," and show. I'm like, "Well, can I still operate the camera for the rest <laughs> of the episode, and then just like step out?" That's like yeah, for the yeah. bit. If like if just in the middle of like a Beatles show, if just like George Harrison was like, well, yeah, but who's gonna like check the mics? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Notice how I did the math of like your George Harrison on the Gethard show. You're the that would be great, right? Yeah. That's yeah. A yeah. Actually, you know, um, the only one that wouldn't be a compliment is Ringo. Right. You know, uh, a question was posed to me recently. It was backstage at a show. Uh, I was doing a show last year with uh, the Hurricane, which is the improv group, which is me, Tom Levin, Alan Starzynski, Will Hines, and Neil Casey. And Neil wasn't there for that show. But Starzynski made this comment that was like about how he made a comment that was like, you just know that Ringo is going to be like the last Beatle alive. And he was saying it as if like that's not right that the other Beatles would die and Ringo's there. And without missing a, without a moment's hesitation, I hadn't pre thought about this. I said, I said, I don't know. I said, 
if you put me in a room with all four Beatles and you told me I had to kill all of them but one, I said, I, I, would, I wouldn't hesitate because I said, in a flash, I have to, like, it's a horrible thing to contemplate. Right. But in that hypothetical, in that, like, would you rather Someone style, quantum leaped you into... Someone quantum leaped me into the worst thing yeah. I could imagine in the history of music. Um, you walk in a room with all four Beatles, you have to kill three? Yeah. Um, I said, well, I can't choose between Lennon and McCartney, so they both have to go. Like, that's my first choice, is like, I can't, I can't choose between them. Right. So if I'm going to do that, and then I'm like, well, if I kill them, then George is going to go next, because Ringo is a great guy. Uh, is he a great guy? He is. He's like, he's like the funny, uh, he's the one who enjoyed being in the Beatles. I mean, Paul did too. But like, he's the one that like, they all, everybody loved Ringo. Like, even when the Beatles fell apart, they all still loved Ringo. They all appeared on Ringo's solo albums. They all, there was never a point where the post-Beatles where everyone was like, I'm not talking to Ringo. Right. And, uh, Paul, from my limited knowledge of him as a human being, outside of music that I mean obviously they've had their like dark periods and their yeah. trials but like basically what I know is like that he seems like a good person yeah uh, seems to have some like I also considered ethics I've, about like being a like, vegan and stuff like that also he like lives in the same house that he's lived in for like a long time or something like I, that I feel bad for Paul because I feel like he had a great I mean I'm not someone who gets wrapped up in the, like the marriages of celebrities but I feel like he had a great. He had one of the great famous person married to someone else. Married like mm-hmm. he, he and Linda McCartney were uh, a great marriage. Mm-hmm. See, I've always found it to be kind of like a, a, a very nice irony that there was so much controversy mm-hmm. that Paul was dead. Yeah, and that he is still one of the people who's remaining. alive. Yeah. yeah, I've always found that to be like a very. I think Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney, if he has a. Um, a central flaw that, I, that you can perceive just from observing him, mm-hmm. I think would be, uh, like there was a show... Uh, Weak Achilles tendons, right? What? Just Weak Achilles tendons. Achilles like, tendons. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, like he's, he's the guy who kept the Beatles really interesting and creative and imaginative. He's the one that when they were all starting to kind of like, Lennon was starting to like, some of the stuff Lennon turns into the White Album is just like lazy. Right. Like, uh, like <laughs> Lennon's tendency would be like, you know, he was also like, Lennon was like experimenting with heroin and stuff like that. Yeah, he was yeah, like, yeah. his heart was not in the Beatles. And Paul was like, let's do a, a concert, let's do an album where it's all a, a live album of all new songs and we'll perform it in front of the pyramids. Like, he was having like, these big ideas. Yeah, and the, the commonplace observation that I've heard, maybe this is uh, attributed to. Um, uh, um, Oh my God! I'm having the worst blank right now. George Martin? Uh, uh, n- n- no, their their longtime manager. Oh, uh, Brian Epstein? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe yeah. this is attributed to Brian Epstein or, or somebody. I, I can't remember. But anyway, this is a, a commonplace observation I've heard before, which is like he essentially became their manager. Yeah. Paul. It and once that happens to a band, yeah. when somebody in the band is yeah. essentially the de facto manager. It wouldn't have been Brian Epstein no, who said that because he would have had to say it from beyond the grave. <laughs> that's right. <what I>, <laughs> once I died, Paul became their manager. <laughs> um, and I could see it going wrong. Um, but uh, when uh, JD's back from his business call, but we got to finish this Beatles talk. I once watched, uh, when, I was, when I lived in England, uh, there was a special on VH1 called Ten of the Best. And I think Ten of the Best, the origin of it is like, like in, uh, when you're sp- spanking a student in school, I'll give him Ten of the Best. Where I think that's the origin of that phrase. But the show was actually that 
fam famous musicians or celebrities would pick their ten favorite music videos. And so you'd have people like Elvis Costello or Sheryl Crow or people like that, and they'd pick, like, here's, like, ten videos that they like. And I remember when Costello hosted it, he picked videos that were specifically, like, not just that the song was good, but, like, the way this video was directed was, like, a good music video. And so I would tape some of these when I'd see, like, who the host was, and I'd be like, oh, I wonder. And when Paul McCartney was on, typically the show would start with a show, a little snippet of the host's, one of his videos or her videos, and then they would then say, like, now here's a Beck video, and here's a... A lot of people picked the Bob Dylan clip from of uh, Subterranean Homesick Blues as one of, like, the first music videos. Um, when Paul McCartney did it, it starts off and there was a little Paul McCartney clip of video and he goes, hello everyone, Paul McCartney is my, you know, videos. And the first video he picked um, was like an archival clip of like, uh, um, you know, like uh, um, maybe like Buddy Holly or someone. It was something like pre-Beatles, uh, Chuck Berry, something like that. Right. The second clip was a Beatles video. I thought, okay, kind of a cheat, but... You know, it's the Beatles. We, yeah, you know, it's sure. not just him. Yeah. Then he picked another archival clip that was uh, someone pre-Beatles. <laughs> then the next one was a Paul McCartney live in concert video. <laughs> and literally every other video on the show was either a pre-Beatles influence or some sort of Paul McCartney or Beatles. Like, there was a Wings video. And there was a Paul McCartney solo video. And, like, I was like, oh, this is kind of a problem that explains like maybe some of the lack of progress within some of his solo work is that maybe at a certain point and I think it is a natural human tendency but it's like oh you're like where's the music you're listening to now because that's he, like that he became very insular and wasn't, yeah. wasn't affected by other newer more and I interesting know, uh, sources of uh, yeah yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Pretty, I think that's very common, yeah. They didn't, he didn't remain, like, curious and, like, a consumer of other people's work, new people's work. And even, I mean, I think you see that even though, like, Dylan has continued to make really great records, the influences of Dylan's past 15 years of records seem to be records from, like, the 20s and 30s. Like, it seems like there's nothing that you can say, like, oh, yeah, Dylan's really been listening to a lot of Beck lately, and you yeah. can hear it in his new album. It's like, oh, he's been living, listening to, like... Uh, like blind right. <laughs> willy whoever you know it's just like uh that is a challenge for artists and creative people in general like yeah to remain for sure intellectually curious and uh have an i can already i can people. already feel it like i can feel like oh i can see how this could happen you get to a certain age you and you're like i'm done yeah. i'm done listening to new stuff yeah, or paying yeah. attention yeah it's not even yeah it's not even like a, a selfish thing it's literally just a natural the inertia of being getting older and it being more difficult for you and, to seek out these other things just catches up with you and also like being exhausted about stuff like i remember like at a certain point i remember watching the movie memento i think i may have mentioned this before on this podcast but feeling like when I was watching Memento, like, I'm barely keeping up with this movie, and then realizing that, like, at some point there will be a Memento that comes out that I will not be able to follow. Like, it will be, it will move so fast that I'll be like, what's going on with yeah. that movie? I'm going to be, like, it happens at a certain point. And there will be lots of other people who did understand it. Yeah, and I'll be like, right. well, I don't Drew know Johnston, you... by the way, walking up right now. Um, yeah, uh, Drew Johnson uh, looking very sharp. But this was a great late night uh, powwow yeah. among the. Uh, what was your official role at, I was at Late the, Show? I was the corporate staff assistant of the Late Show with David the Letterman. Yeah. Corporate staff. How do you feel about Letterman coming to an end? 
Uh, I'm excited that it's on his own terms. Um, honestly. Wow, like, you're spoken like a true corporate staff. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, like, it's... We it's wish him the best. No, like, honestly, I love, like, Dave is, yeah. ama- like, he's an amazing host. It, it's it's very sobering to think about what the world would be like because without David Letterman on late night television because uh, the last time that happened was... 1986, 1980, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It was even before that. Before that, um, yeah. Um, and so it's like, well, the last time that the world didn't have David Letterman at night on television, like, yeah. it was a very different world. And so it's like, what will the world look like after him is something that I think about and find it to be very uh, moving. Do you, ha- do you have any funny stories from your time at Letterman? Um, funny stories uh, about Dave about Dave specifically yeah I only really like I didn't interact with him much like he like again I worked there for three years from 2010 until 2013 uh-huh. um, and by that point like he very much like keeps off to on his own a little bit but uh, there was uh, like a number of times when I would like cover the 12th floor reception desk uh, for uh, an older gentleman named Art um, who uh Art would walk through, or Art would leave, and I would have to go there, and then, like, as the show would come on, like, Dave would walk past the elevator, Mm -hmm. and so, like, my one interaction with Dave really was, like, uh, Dave was walking through, and, uh, he would would always shout when he's walked through the door, he'd always go, Artie! And then he would look over, and he would see it was me there, and he would go, go, that's not Art, that's a kid, and then he would just, and then, like, the, his very nice assistants behind him would go, like, oh, that's Matt, and he would go, that's a kid, and then he would just come up the elevator. He'd always say this? Yeah, yeah. That's a great Dave story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, that that story had about two minutes of preamble that said I that was telling me that you had nothing. Yeah, no. I thought you were bearing that. I thought you were just like I got to make it clear. Uh, no, 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 yeah. I never had a whimsical interaction with David Letterman. But you had a repeated bit where he would call you a kid. Yeah, I mean, he would call. He would say like, "Oh, that's a kid," and then like, yeah, it would be like a double tape, and he would walk through, and he would be, he would be like, "Where's Art?" And you're like, "That's Matt." And he's like, "Yeah, it's a kid." <laughs> that's. That's a delightful, yeah. that's a um, treasure. You hold a treasure of American comedy in your past. Um, but that yeah, little bit. Like, I mean, I feel like other people, like, there was one girl who was covering the desk where, like, he would also, sometimes he would either, like, leave a carrot on the desk or uh-huh. he would, like, toss a carrot. Yeah. And there was one time where she didn't know that there was going to be a carrot there and just hit her square in the forehead. <laughs> and Dave, like, I think talked about it on the show that night. He was like, I felt horrible. My usual person wasn't there and I just threw a carrot and hit a girl. <laughs> Why did he throw the what's the cigarettes with the carrots? I don't know. Like he, like he would have like snacks in his office, and he would always carry like a handful of like baby carrots out into the elevator. I think. Do you remember? Do you remember? I don't know if anyone remember this other than me. When he had a show on NBC, and he would talk, he would call the girl in the office across the street from the studio. <laughs> this was a great no, long running bit. Does anyone else have any awareness no, of this? I know that it happened. Yeah, yeah. there they the they got the number of there was a. The office across from Rock, Rockefeller Center. It's like Waleed. Right? Yeah, and uh, the, and they would the, then they would just have a regular show where he would call her and she would like talk to him. He'd be like, "Hey, tell that guy." They like see, see someone walk by. Hey, uh, call that guy in your office. She'd call him in. He goes, "Tell him, tell him he's 
uh, he needs to get a clue. <laughs> and she would like do whatever he said, and it was great. Wait, could you see? Could you see? You could see her. Happen? Yeah, you, it was like zoomed in so from like the out studio? the window. Yeah. Oh, no, wow. not from the studio, but from like the le- from the from late night audience. Oh, this would be like a pre-taped bit that they would do. No, it'd be a live bit during the show, but the camera would the, he would, would call from his studio to so his he would, office or something. No, they he would, would have the cameraman up. They'd be watching the monitor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he oh, would oh, he okay. would call from the desk. He would call. So, like, how would you produce this if you're doing it for Seth? If we were doing this for Seth, I imagine because you're saying that you can see across from Thirty Rock from Letterman's office. Office, yeah. Um, so we'd probably do it as a pre-tape bit where we would just like we we would like set up in his office and then like just call him and then show it. During see, the show. but like Davis as opposed to doing it, he'd desk. call from the desk. He'd call the number and, and then it would cut the desk, the, the desk like in studio. studio. Okay. As a live part of the show, he would okay. call her. They'd have the camera to cut to the shot from oh, his office on the monitor. Oh, now. But I'm he'd just... be having a phone conversation. He'd basically just be having the phone conversation, and he could see on the monitor. It would also be cool if they, he just walked to his office live. But that's something that really. That's private happen. space. Yeah. That's a private space. The, uh, I mean, Dave still did still does stuff like that. Like, have you seen? I mean. Like he'll set up like the fire hose on the street sign and then ask people like with like the megaphone. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, hey, walk over here, and then he would. He has, <laughs> he has a button that just like fires the hose onto them. Oh, Jesus, <laughs> he's just pranking people. We man. realize this is becoming a late night round table. Really? Yeah. Just uh, accidentally. Just accidentally. Uh, not a regular feature of the podcast. I know there were some people on Twitter who were concerned that we would have ever have. For, recurring features right. or bits but it's going to happen accidentally sometimes that you'll do like the late night round table right. uh, where we talk to people past, present, future <laughs> uh, involved in late night television yeah yeah we have, You've already we, have, we have two of the shows shows checked off here yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and JD I believe you're are you working on the new Chelsea Handler uh, Netflix late night show I am not <laughs> okay I just wanted yeah. to make sure <laughs> Um, that should be a recurring story. You ask people. Ask, <laughs> I just want to find out. On the new... Drew Johnson's just arrived. Yeah, one of the head writers for uh, the Chris Gethard show. Yeah. He's op- not speaking. He's, op- opening he's opening a bag mix. of Chex Mix. How are you, Drew? In a very strange place in the bag. He's, opening. he's, he's nodding and winking as if to say, I'm doing well. He did the poll. Sticking his tongue out of his mouth as if to suggest, I'm feeling dirty. <laughs> he did a poll open, but from the corner. Yeah, it's like it's a little teapot. Which usually, if you're gonna rip, you rip the corner, but you pull from the middle. Looks like Drew's intention is to <laughs> chew the checks mix into the microphone. Uh, Drew Johnson. Yummy! <laughs> hey, we got a word from Disrespecting him. Disrespecting every single person listening. <laughs> yeah. Well. Those of you who are at the funerals of your loved ones <laughs> listening to this, we apologize for Drew's Drew inconsiderate ad- behavior. Uh, JD, how did your uh, business meeting go? It went okay. It went all right. It was a lot of people on a call, and we had to work out some details of stuff. Uh, okay, Sal. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's Hampton right. Ballbridge. Very long ago, we were in the middle of this. I know, my yes. phone call went much longer than no, I expected. No, 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 it's, it's very interesting for us to circle back to this now, after everything that's happened since you've been home. Uh Yeah, Hampton Ballbridge. You went to college with him. Jackie and I went to college, and Jackie was in an improv team with him, and I was, uh, uh, are you guys double, am I double mic'd right now? All right. Um, kind of want to take a little break. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, Kempton Ballridge. Jackie was in an improv team with him, and I, I'm pretty sure I took theater classes with him. Uh, what, what? That's not 100%. Describe this person to me. 
So, you know, I didn't know him super well, but I knew that um, the perception of him was that he was a fairly, he did like preposterous, ridiculous things. Like he just kind of like was, and I don't know, I can't tell if they were contrived or if he really was just like a weird person or if it was more like he was trying to like manufacture a weird persona for himself. Like, um, but um, like eventually he joined like the Coast Guard or something or like the Navy or something like that. Yeah. Um, and I haven't really... I've lost track of him since then. How do you know him? When I was... I was born in Dallas, Texas. Okay. Then, months after my birth, I believe, like maybe uh-huh. a year, right. we moved to Atlanta, Georgia. Right. We lived in Atlanta, Georgia for maybe a year or two. Then we moved to Charleston, South Carolina. Okay. In Charleston, South Carolina, I went to a school called Charlestown Elementary School. The person with whom I would uh, carpool to and from school was a young man named Kempton. Kempton. Whose father was like an admiral in the Navy or something like that. Yeah, that's right. Not that, make, that makes sense Not now. Admiral, but like, you know, whatever, some... He was one, a person in the Navy that wore like the Navy suit had all the right. time. Right. I remember... He was decorated in some way. He drove a convertible, I believe. Huh. And he had... All of those decorated, like the navy ones, yeah. are very colorful and all, mm-hmm. all the squares. And I was always impressed by that. That is impressive. But this person, Kempton, drove me insane as a three-year-old <laughs> child. I was very like by the rules, like just want to like right. go to school. Da da da. And this kid, I would get into the car, and there's this like sort of famous story in my family. That everyone talks about this kid. So it was like sort of one of the first, you know, when like you're a kid and like you sort of don't do anything and then right. like you get to an age where like you finally have ideas and thoughts and things like yeah. that. This was like one of the first times that I had like, was like dealing with something emotionally as a kid. And it was right. like this, this other kid was just bothering me. Right. Because we'd get in the car to carpool and he would just go, B, 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 B. And he wouldn't stop. Just constantly? Just constantly. And I would go, Kempton, can you please stop? He'd go, C, 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 Like, Kempton, can you please stop? A, 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 A. And it would, like, drive me nuts. And then, like, I would go to his house and play, and he would, like, we'd, like, be building Legos, and he'd, like, smash them. It was, like... You were of the. It's interesting to me that you were of the age where you could have this sort of like measured, rational response to him. Well, so that was a, a, a somewhat famous interaction in my family. Was I would tell my mom, I'd be like, I, he just, he just, he annoys me, and he does these things <laughs> I think intentionally to like bother me, and then even that you could conceive of what his intentions might be in a, in this very sort of like clinical way. Right. I I think that he may be doing this. With the, pur- the purpose in mind of trying to antagonize or annoy or irritate me. Right, and it was like very strange behavior. Yeah. And so my mom gave me some advice, which then famously, I was in the car one day with him and his father, and he was bothering me. And I repeated the advice as a child, not really understanding how it was sort of inappropriate to say this. Right. He was being so annoying. That as like whatever, like a three-year-old or a four-year-old, whatever, I was like, Kempton, you know, my mom said that I don't have to be friends with you, 
but I have to be nice to you. <laughs> and I said that loud, and apparently his dad just started, was like, started laughing or whatever, and then like, yeah. somehow it got back to my parents. Or something, it became like a right. well-known story in my family. Like, I said this kid, I was like, Captain, right. I don't... My mom said that I have to be nice to you, but I don't have to be friends with you. And that was like something that like gave me peace. Was that like I don't have to be friends with him? I just have to be nice to him right now. <laughs> I mean, and then I completely lost track. That of is him. a he very was, he was the this, he was the prototypical version of someone that like bothered me as a child. That was like he was very hyperactive and very. You and I cr- lost all touch with him. You crystallized in that moment a very I think important. Uh, principle about hu- basic human interaction, about what it means to live in a civilized society. Right. And it's like, that's like a maximum that adults could live by. Right. And that's very funny. I'm, uh, and I think true. I think it's a, I think it's a truism. Right. It's still, it tans, like you, this is a sort of trial by fire that you had and learned this valuable yes, exactly. principle. And that I, is learned, the, I learned that it's like, I don't have to like this person or I, right. I don't have to make this person change to behave. I just have to. Right. Deal with what it is. Exactly. But it, it does not have to be a part of my life. Wow. And it was, you know, I'm sure this kid's changed or different, but like for, for the longest time, his name was sort of like uh, one of those, you know, every family has these stories about their kids when they were young. And he, his name always came up as like the prototypical, like, right. the sort of like foil to the version of me as a child was this like kid that like the first person like caused me some sort of like trauma as a kid to be like, how do I deal with this thing? Right. And so the other day, as my parents were in town, and we were, like, reminiscing of old people, and then I was like, what was the name of that kid? Like, that ki- like what was that Kempton guy's? Like, what was his last name? My parents said it. And so then I was like, I have to look him up on Facebook and see what's happened to him. And then I looked it up, and I was like, Johns Hopkins. <laughs> and then I was like, two mutual friends, Jackie and Sal. And I was like, how does, what does the... And you said that you were, like, shocked of what had become of him or something? Like, what did you mean? You said something like you were surprised what ended up happening to him or something. Uh, No, I I was just surprised to see this person as an adult. He's a person that I I only had a recollection of them being a fellow three-year-old who was, like, at the time, like, felt like he may have some sort of, like, hyperactive issue. Yeah. I'm sure he still, I think they still had some version of that even in college. Yeah, but it could be, like, his personality. But whatever it was... My only version was this kid there just be like, beep, 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 beep. And I was like, Jesus. And I'm sure he's, he's probably a nice guy now, but like my only version of him. Sure, I never thought yeah. of him as malicious or anything like right. that. Yeah. But my only image of him is this like kid who was more of a concept in my childhood. Yeah. And like this lesson that I learned, like in this, like, you know, like, like you said, trial by fire, social way. The so maximum so that you. It's so interesting to see that he exists as an adult somewhere. Yeah. And that you, people that I know, have interacted with him. That's so <laughs> that, strange to me. That he persisted yeah. as an entity right. in the world. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't... I, yeah, I, I only had that limited interaction with him in college, but I, I am friends with him on Facebook. That's so interesting to yeah. me. Uh, Am I allowed to ask you to jump on Twitter? I don't think we are. You don't think we are? No. Just because the only time we've ever done things... Matt Starr asked to jump on Twitter doing a show. And there was talk about us doing something, but... The only time we ever do something is when, like, me, Matt, or Phil organized it, and we're all sort of busy. So right. all it is is my L being like, let's do this. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, uh, when, why, how? Right. Well, I, may, I, wonder what Con- I want to know what Connor's been doing. Uh, I've just been distracted by it. I put you in a vine. I hope it's all right. That's fine with me. I just didn't know what it was. Just labeling what, the, what this is that's happened. 
I want to get people excited yes. about the late night roundtable. Please get the, um, get the word out. I feel like I feel like the late night roundtable is kind of the the heir to like the Dick Cavett sort of uh, school of you know where you just get people sitting around discussing matters of the day. Also, I'll say this: here's something that I've found pride in in our show. Yeah, is that whenever we have guests on, our listeners are very good about adhering to positive interactions that those guests want to elicit on the internet while they listen to them. Like, we had, um, like, we had, what was her, uh, your friend Corinne from, um, what's the name of her music group? Oh, uh, um, yeah, Summer and Eve. Summer and Eve. She was on, like, one episode at, like, hour 10 or whatever. Uh, it was Nadia. Oh, Nadia. Yeah, yeah. Um, Who you can see in a, a Time Warner cable commercial playing a, a wife who doesn't want to be with her husband who's played by me. <laughs> right. <laughs> but so I'll say, is there any, is there, are there any interactions you'd like to elicit from our listeners? Like, Wait, I'm not sure you give me the example. Well, for Summer and Eve, she was like, oh, well, I'll uh, just like tweet, tweet that you like. And then she was like, well, I'll send you a CD if you tweet. And then... She's like, if you send us a photo, we made up this convoluted thing where people send a photo of them asking for a business card. Then somebody would tweet a photo of a business card, and then our friends would have to Photoshop it into their hands. And then somebody was like, then we'll give you, we'll send you a CD. Not only that, but it was a very complicated thing that it feels like no one would do. We had tons of people do it to the How point many that people did it. Enough that somebody was like, wait, what? Number one, they forgot. They the whole group Oops. didn't know that Nadia had. Said that, so they're like, "What's happening? Why are all these people tweeting these photos of asking for business cards or uh, hashtags?" I'm just saying, our listeners are very—they're—they'll surprise you every surprise. time. Well, they're—they're they're very committed to engaging. Yeah. So, what do you guys want to give away? Like, what? Uh... You know. <laughs> but like, what kind of, is there? The point is, we like to have our guests do promos where they give away their own. <laughs> no. The point is, we like our guests to elicit interactions from our listeners. So it can be as simple enough as following you guys on Twitter or tweeting at you some sort of hashtag or something like that. Right. Or it could be something more... Like maybe you have, like... Maybe, for example, you have a... Like a... Maybe you're in Letterman at one point right. on an episode and you just have never been able to grab a screenshot of it. Oh, sure. Our audience could... I, I bet someone in our, our, our listener base would be like, great, we'll, we'll grab a screenshot for you. Because all these people are people that are listening to this podcast while they so work or while they have. So I could somebody on like a wild goose chase, essentially. <laughs> you could. Well, I don't want it to be a goose chase. I mean, like you want to get the you want to get the goose. Yeah. No, I want that goose. Right. I'm saying sure. that these are these are people mostly that are like have jobs where they have to wait a lot, around a lot for things to happen, or they're doing you know they're doing stuff, and it's like. The very, fact that, the very fact that they, this, I don't mean this in a derogatory way at right, all. Right, exactly. The fact that they've had time to listen to even one episode of a 12 hour day means they have some time on their hands. Right. You have to have some available right. time to pay attention. Or they're in a situation where they, where they, have, they, at, yeah. they, they have time that they, they're trying to get by doing stuff. So, like, that's why people listen to this and they'll write out notation of where, what's going on or something like that. So, that's why it's like if there's, if there's something to engage them with that that would benefit you in some way or that I mean, you would even enjoy. I don't think this was directly through 12-hour day, but when I one day on my lunch break, when the whole uh, when the whole Ukraine situation started flaring up, I remembered that I was in I was on C-SPAN in high school asking a question about Ukraine. And I tweeted 
just asking a question, is there any way that I could find, I tweeted at C-SPAN, is there any way I could find a clip from this show uh, that I was on? And w within five minutes, someone who was a Twitter follower of mine uh, had found the clip and done that. There's a function on the C-SPAN website where you can like edit a clip out and post it as its own thing. And they'd already isolated my question on C-SPAN and posted it as its own thing within five minutes without me giving a lot of context right. for what it was. Or another good example is um, we we like in episode one offhandedly mentioned as we made it we and then in episode one we made our like Tumblr Twitter account all that stuff on the air and I was trying to figure out what the password should be for our Twitter we sort of whispered it and then we gave away like half a clue and then recently someone went back through and listened enough times that they figured out what the clue would lead to and figured out all that stuff and then went around and also Connor always tried not to mention what his the name of the TV series he made as a child with his friends was but through enough context clues people went and found those videos wow. and it became this like, sort of collective people that wouldn't share the name of it or anything but they would they make it known that they it. found it uh, how about this for me um, I want them to we spoke about my hometown earlier in the show my hometown of Mansfield News Journal my hometown of Mansfield Ohio uh, I want you to if you can find I'll do two things either go to the Mansfield News Journal and find whatever your favorite small town story is and tweet it at me or if you can find anything involving me in the Mansfield News Journal what's your Twitter at Matthew S. Star. M A T T H E W. I just tweeted. I just tweeted both their their twitters. I just tweeted both their twitters. So you can find either like just your favorite news story, or even if you can find anything about me from the Mansfield News Journal, feel free to tweet it at me, and I will I will follow you back and reply to it. So Mansfield News News Journal from Mansfield, Ohio, tweeted at Matt Star. Twelve heads, get on this. Let's see some. Let's see some small town news stories. Uh, can you just press that little button with your finger? Up? Great. All right, thank you. That'll be good. I think you know what? It'll be interesting. I bet you could find some real. I wonder if the most salacious stories you could find in the Mansfield News Journal is. It's a crazy. Like again, it's a very small town newspaper. So it's like the last time I looked at it, it was like pictures of. Uh, all of the Miss Lexington pageant, and it's like one of the funniest things I've ever seen. What is the Miss Lexington pageant? It's like, it's like a beauty pageant, but just for my one small town of like 6,000 people. <laughs> I don't want to be rude, but no, 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 in no. small towns, the cutoff, the, the waterfall of people who are objectively attractive yes. versus people who want to do beauty pageants probably doesn't line up. It's just what you think. It's exactly what you think. It's really, really funny. Um, that there's also like a news story of like it's a news story in my hometown that like a married couple just retired and they just decided they're gonna ride a tandem bike across the country. <laughs> That's great. That's amazing. See, yeah, uh, include me on those ads so that I, because I'd like to read these as well. I guess I have something that Connor's example reminds me of, which is it's actually something I was recently thinking about and I. Didn't know of any way to track it down. So, my very first job out of college was writing for this um, local uh, 
these like essentially they were sort of like trade political publications published by a local publisher in New York City. Like there's a publisher that published local newspapers just about like neighborhoods within within New York City in Manhattan. And then they started publishing these specialized political papers that were kind of like if you're familiar with the hill or roll call from washington dc they were designed to be like that but for new york city and new york state politics anyway i worked for that as my first job out of college as a reporter there and i occasionally did media appearances uh i was on the leonard lopate show a few times uh which i i think is easy to find uh this is amazing <laughs> so the the leonard lopate show i'm pretty sure that that one might actually just be on the air because i know i've gone back and listened to that one uh, I've done that twice. One time it was actually terrifying because they had another guest after me. And one, one time we were in a commercial break and the producer just said to me, like, we can't get the other guest online, so can you just talk for another, like, 15 minutes on the Leonard Lopez show? And I was terrified. What is this show? Have you ever heard of this show? The Leonard Lopez show? Yeah, I've listened to it in podcast. Um, it's on WNYC. Okay. Uh, it's like, there's the Brian Lehrer show in the morning on WNYC. The E and Brian Lehrer are sort of the like two main, like... Talk show guests. I think it's like a two-hour show. Or something. Leonard Lopez. It's great. Very. He's got a great yeah, like. He's got a great voice. Everything's a little bit. He's fascinated by. Yeah. Uh, well, now, Sal. Now, tell us about this show. Everything's a little bit hushed yeah. and a little bit. Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. And so you're you're enjoying the late night comedy. You're enjoying it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's very funny, isn't it? Yeah. That's a that's a it's good. It's I haven't listened to it in a while. That's a pretty accurate like he, tone, great, right? Accurate tone. It's sort of like he invites you in, and uh, it's, great. it's great. He has a hushed radio voice, and yeah. he's enthusiastic as an interviewer, yeah. and seems always like just to be devouring like whatever his guests are saying. Very calm and measured, but very curious about literally everything that they have to say. It's a great show. I was on it twice talking about local city politics. I think those are easy to find, but the difficult one I think to find, which I've never actually seen myself, is. I was invited to do like some sort of panel that was I had to go to Staten Island for. It was like CUNY television or something like that. And I, I, I'm not even sure if it was CUNY. I don't know. But it was like some sort of like CUNY Staten Island or something along those lines. And uh, I did some like roundtable show about local politics. I don't even know what it was called or if it was ever appeared online in any capacity. So I'd be fascinated to see if that you know, exists. Do you know the name of it or anything? I don't remember the name of it at all. So all you know is that, <laughs> Sal Gentile, you were on a roundtable politics show somewhere in Staten Island, you think at one of the city universities of New York. Yeah, I think it was... Time frame? Um, I had this job from 2008 to 2010, so it was in those two years. Um, I know that I was in Staten Island to do it, so I would. Just, I think it might have been like a Staten Island outlet of CUNY. I'm not even sure the, the, if there's like how the CUNY system works. If there's like a CUNY in Staten Island, but um, and there's, I'm trying to think of what it might have been about, but I can't even remember that. This is. If, All right, any, 12 if, heads. if any 12 head can find this, I will be impressed. <laughs> Do you want to impress us, shocked. 12 heads? What can, okay, let's say this. If someone does find this, we will we'll send give some bo- Boko. Some Boko. Some Boko. What's Boko? Bonus content. Oh. Bocon. I mean, I can't think. I'm trying to think of something that I could offer as a reward, but I can't even think of something. I, How about he uh, will produce? Th- Sal will produce you into one of the late night with Seth Meyers. Can you produce? No, hold on, hold on. I know you can't promise it, but is it? 
is it even theoretically possible that you could produce someone into an episode? <laughs> no, I can't. We shouldn't even. No, no, okay, we, no we, what, we can't promise what, that. What Sal will do? He will produce. You he into will. Okay, he will take one of the releases that he gets a celebrity to sign. He will take. I your, never. I don't have nothing to do with that. I don't get releases to celebrities. How about this? How about this? Okay, you said you've had. The only thing I know about your job is that you have had to say your name to some of the guests. Yeah. <laughs> um, here's no. Here's what you have to do: is that if you find this uh, thing, here's what Sal. Oh, Sal yeah, I know will do. You're, I know you're going to say it. I like it. Is that let's say for instance, if he was interacting with Chris O'Dowd and he has to say his name, he will say some people call me, and then he will say your name. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so would you say, do that? Say, hey, I'm, I'm Sal Gentile. Do it Some, once to one Yeah, person. just once to one famous person. Or no, just any guest of, of Late Night. Okay, and, and I won't say... Do I specifically say the word some people call me, or can I say some people pronounce it as, or it's often pronounced, or it's sometimes just, just, pronounced just, you, you Actually, no, you, you, yeah, those actually are more awkward, because it could be that it would be like <laughs> Jeff, Jennifer Winterson. Like, it could be that that's the name. I might have Jennifer Winterson. <laughs> it's actually much weirder to do it the way you're going to do it. If, if Jennifer Winterson, and that's, I don't know if we have a Jennifer Winterson I don't listening, believe we do. But... You'll have to say, hi, I'm Sal Gentile. Some people call me Jennifer Winterson. Uh, this is what you'll be doing. And just like, you can brush past that. Also, I can't document this in other way, so in any way. So it would have to be on our system. Like, I would just right. have you to just tell, let you guys know that I did it. You, would, right. you yeah. have to tweet and be like, I, I did it. Yeah, you have to tweet that you did it. No, no you don't have to tweet, because we don't want to make you lose your job. Yeah. Uh, it would be a dumb thing to get fired over that, that you're publicly doing a prank. Okay, let's it. create a code word that Sal can tell us that we'll tweet out. Okay, so if someone does this, Sal will take your name and introduce himself to a celebrity guest using your name, and then he will tell us that he did it, and we will we tweet, tweet out a code word that only 12 heads will know means that Sal did that at his job. Guys, the more we talk about this, the more I'm certain that I cannot do this. <laughs> Wait, so, there has to be some kind of guest that you know would be cool with, because the worst case scenario is that you okay. just made a joke, a weird joke to a guest that they were like, no. But I've already talked told the story in which a celebrity has acknowledged that my name does sound like this. So it's kind of already happened without... No, but this is a present for a listener who did a, <laughs> who did a lot of work to find your obscure show. But just the people... Here's the thing, Sal. I don't even want to see this. I just yeah. was conjuring something. I know, I know. Okay, but here, you, here's, here's what you could say. Here's what you could say. Let's say, let's say okay. We'll, I'll be we'll, the we'll famous, who do you be the famous person. Which famous person? Give me someone who's a realistic guest that you might feel comfortable doing this to. At late night. I'm, I cannot say a name. I can't say the name of a famous Oh, right. Person. You can't say it. Yeah. Wait, why can't he say it? Because he, he deals with real people in the real world, and they find out that some producer... You don't know that a famous, you, you don't know that a famous person exists? No no, 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 no. He can't say it without giving the game up that he's in, in on this racket. JD. What? Like, he can't name drop a famous person now that he's going to do this to, because then it's out there. He's actually... Right. Playing it smart by saying he's not going to do it. I, 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 That's okay, smart fine, play. fine, fine. We'll yeah. make up. We'll figure out a fake. Fa okay, okay uh, let's say make up a fi Matt Starr. You're disconnected from this. You're years out of the late night game. Yep. Um, make up Almost a, a make up out, a yeah. fake celebrity that you think would be booked on a late night talk show of any stripe. It could be Chelsea Handler's new Netflix show. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think it would be like. Uh, I just need a character to play. You are a uh, you. Her, uh, oh, how about this? How about this? Uh, like somebody who is, um, 
what, what am I looking for? Like, you, you were given the Medal of Honor. Okay, yeah, I'm a veteran. I was given the Medal of Honor. Oh, my God. Great. All right. Okay. <laughs> now, yep. in, yes, let's involve decorated <laughs> veterans. <laughs> Just to make this even no, no, safe. Wait, 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 okay, and, right. and my name is, my name is uh, Sal Canteen. It's a character I'm making up right now named Sal Canteen is the play- character that I'm playing. Yeah. I'm not even playing this guy, Sal, sitting across me. I'm playing an, my own original character that's not at all affiliated with this real person here. Yeah, but I pronounce it Sal Canteen. <laughs> right. Okay, so here. You pronounce it Sal Canteen. Right, exactly. So here's what I would do. Yeah. Uh, what's your name? What's your character's name? I am uh, Lieutenant Walkerson. <laughs> don't, don't. Okay, and what's, what's the name of the 12 head that did the thing for us? Uh, Booney, Booney, Mark Booney. Mark Booney. <laughs> Mark Booney. Okay, so I'll go, uh, hi, uh, Lieutenant. Uh, I just want to introduce myself. Oh, hello. Uh, my name is Sal. I just say that just because uh, someone once called me Mark Booney, just random. It was, anyways, uh, tonight you're going to be doing... What are you doing to me? What? I'm, what no, you, tonight you're gonna. What be, was that, Mark Booney? Sir, nonsense. Sir, can you look at my hand? What? Sir, look at my arm. What? Sir, ow, were you ow, ow, trying ow, to do? Ow. Oh my God! Get set my, in my here. vision is closing. Get your in. boss in here. The, the tunnel is closing. Is that what you're worried about? All right. I just want to be clear about something. You're not going to Now that we've mm. actually like acted out the possible scenario, yeah. nightmare scenario. I'm not going to do this. All right. <laughs> there's no situation in which I'm going to do this. You, nobody, you guys can go, literally no one can even what make is, even the slightest okay, 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 okay. here's, here's something. What is, is this something you could do? Like, could you, like, just write the name of the person on a script and take a picture of it? Wait, do what? No, like, here, here's, I think, uh, uh, can you, based on while that, a guest is asleep, no, place no, 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 a, no, no, no. <laughs> when would a guest ever be asleep? Resting, like, before go, the show. Going to the, bed, go into the bedroom at the late night. For the, no. Okay, here's what you do. This is what Sal will offer you if you find, if you find this it's obscure I, clip. If you find this obscure clip, Sal will write your name on a post-it note and just stick it on his desk. Uh, and on your own desk at work. On your own desk at work? My desk at home. My de- home desk. You can't do it at your Wait desk at work? Sal. You won't post a post-it note on your own desk? <laughs> All right, fine. I'll do that. Okay. Do How about, why don't you just... Uh, Ask? To, I don't know you people. 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 What do you mean, you people? Irish? Me and me and yeah. me. <laughs> 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 you got a problem with the Irish people? <laughs> like me and. Uh... I didn't even. Wait, what's um, now, this? Is this is opening up a lot more concern for me about the work environment at this place no, that I, you are saying. No, Sal's just a reasonable not... guy. He's not a prankster. No. Uh, how about this? The work environment. Uh, how about this? Because this just affects you. It doesn't get you in trouble with any with anything. That uh, the I want to if, if, I propose something because I think it'll be worse than what we're proposing. <laughs> um, that's what we're looking. For. Uh, uh, if they find this obscure clip, you will while uh, your lovely girlfriend Jackie is asleep. You will write their name on her and you will take a picture of it on her. On her. That's no. I'm, I'm, I'm not, like on her no, arm, on her I, no, we I'm don't not, condone. We don't condone. No, you're no, messing. Okay. We Look. don't condone rela- relationships. Relationship. This is the way you no. make a sale. <laughs> you, you propose something that's much. Like yeah, that. I understand. Now, <laughs> now you're more willing to ruin. And then, your... and then you explain the strategy to the right, customer. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Because the thing is, if we were going to do that, the caveat, the only way that would be of any interest is you can never explain it. <laughs> like Jack will just wake up and be like, 
why is Mark Booney, who wrote Mark Booney on my arm? And you'd be like, I don't know. I have to deny it, but I even did it. Yeah. yeah. Well, here's the th- how about this? Um, yeah. Okay, let's say Mark Booney is the person who. Uh, <laughs> <There's no worse> <laughs> <name>. <laughs> Mark Booney is the guy who. Uh, Find, he does the legwork. He finds out. He goes through the uh, the archives of <laughs> he, these shows. He takes the Staten Island ferry there. to Staten Island. He goes through the physical archives. Uh, he here's finds, how I'll do it. Here's how I'll do it. <laughs> if an actual person named Mark Brody does it. If a real okay. human being named Mark Brody does this. I mean, we can reverse engineer that. No problem. We'll just... Yes. I, I, even I just the fact you already said that, someone has already registered a Twitter as Mark Brody and no, started no, no, following us. We have to... Like, but verify that that person's real given name is Mark. Will you do this? Because this doesn't infringe on the... This enters in more your own collegial work environment. Chris Scott just walked by, which is a... Oh, yeah, we referenced him earlier. Event, yeah. um, let's say Mark Booney does the... Highly unlikely... It's highly unlikely this will happen, but if he does find the obscure, really obscure thing that you will tell uh, your uh, one of your colleagues, Connor O'Malley, mm-hmm. at work, who's a writer uh, on late night, you will tell him that uh, some people call you Mark Booney. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I will do, do that. He'll do that because he'll start calling you Mark Booney. Tell him you prefer to be called Mark Booney. I will do that. Because he'll do it, right? Yeah, he will do it. And then, then, is this open to anyone or just Mark Booney? Just no, Mark Booney. I, I, no, no, because we, we, there, anyone, might, be a, there might be a can, funnier if name. If anyone does this, I will go up to Connor O'Malley and I will tell him that I prefer, prefer to be called Mark, Mark Booney. <laughs> <laughs> um, What's funny is, yeah, if you don't know Connor O'Malley... <laughs> This is not going to unfold great for Sal. <laughs> this is, no. I mean, the, the thing that's weird about this is... outcomes this way. It yeah. doesn't end up weird yeah, for Sal. This is going to end up bad. The thing is, what I can't believe is that I know there's a little bit of nervousness, but I feel like you have, like, multiple guests. We didn't put a time limit on it. You could bind your time and wait until finally there was someone that you felt comfortable enough Making yeah, a weird joke to you. Carrot Top's ex wife somehow managed gets a booking on the thing. I just, as a rule, don't want to involve the guests. Yeah, like if Sashir like if Sashir was a guest on the show, you would you would do that. I and suppose. It, because to me, this <laughs> is... And then explain like, you know, Connor and Jenny have this podcast. And then I have to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah they have this podcast. It's 12 hours long. And I don't know. Yeah. But, <laughs> but so the, fact that, the fact, <laughs> that, anyways, the fact that you were so immediately agreeable to the idea of... Uh, setting like we don't know the concept. We know the consequences of you saying it to a guest. They'd be like, "Huh? Okay, well, I got to be on the show now." And then they would forget about it. Like, yeah, the producer says he some, his name <laughs> Sal Gentile, but See, no, some I people call him Mark Booney. I feel like the, the people go out to the show and anything they can do, they, they would go out and they would say to Seth, like first thing they'd be like, "You know, your What's producer told me." <laughs> 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 How funny if that became like the best piece was all about like. like the weirdest yeah, thing just happened in there. And then I can see Sally being brought out like on national television. Let's bring him out here. Hey, let's get him out of here. Promise, and promise us have... this. If, for some reason, because the, the, the <laughs> I know you said you won't do that, but the thought's been planted in your head, so there's always a possibility you'll do it by accident. Right. Uh, to a guest because you'll think like well don't say Mark Booney don't say Mark Booney and then the one thing you'll say <laughs> well is, I've already acknowledged that it comes up when any in the course of my life when I yeah. spell my name for people, how do you pronounce your name and yeah. you're and gonna without say, thinking you're gonna say some of you have pronounced Mark Booney <laughs> and, <laughs> and, oh, and, uh, yeah and you're gonna accidentally say it uh, I did think that's very unlikely it, okay but if if you accidentally say it, Mark <laughs> it that's just hypothetical it's whatever guest name comes up who finds this clip but um, Let's say that happens, and let's say then that guest goes out, 
And uh, F. Murray Abraham says, the weirdest thing happened to me backstage. Uh, one of your producers, uh, Sal Gentile, he uh, says some people pronounce his name Mark Booney. Seth is mystified. He doesn't know what. This wasn't in the pre-interview. This is what is going on. They call you out. If all of those things happen, you have to plug this podcast. <laughs> Are you agreeable to that? If that entire sequence of events... Or something... If this, if this or thing something unfolds e- that somehow you end up on stage live at late night... And they're asking, why did you tell our guests that your name is pronounced Mark No, no, no. Very specifically, the sequence of events, as Connor described it, is I accidentally say... Yes, I say it. Someone, right. I say, as I say, I accidentally say some people pronounce my name Mark Bruni. <laughs> I say, hi, my name is Sal Dettiel. Somebody pronounce my name Mark Bruni. The and guest then, then brings it up on air. That's the first thing. Then the guest goes out, and then he brings that up, he or she brings that up on air, and says, you know, the funniest thing happened just now. Yeah, <laughs> and it could be any guest. It doesn't have to be F. Murray Abraham. <laughs> Actually... Uh, all right, fine. Whatever. Okay, fine. come on. Anyway, Don't I, hold I me to that. Like That's ridiculous. Oh, we'd all love it if it was him. Yeah. The weirdest thing happened. Um, and, then, and then Seth has to call you and out then, on and then air. And he calls me out on stage and, and, and says, Sal, and, what did you do? And I have to explain at if that point, sequence of events occurs, three things I, I, that I will say, uh, um, you know, it, it is because of this podcast, 12 hour day. With JD and Connor. <laughs> Thank you. As much as I enjoy needling Sal here, and this has been a pleasure, I have to go, guys. Well, and yeah. goodbye, Man Star. Thank you Bye so much Star. for having me on your uh, show. Where can we find your? Where can our listeners and viewers find your uh, or comedy? Viewers, uh, listeners, viewers. Uh, my comedy. You can follow me on Twitter, Matthew S. Star. Uh, I also have a YouTube channel, Matthew Star Comedian. Or Matthew, yeah, does Matthew it bother you that it's Matthew S. Star, which is just Matthew Star? It doesn't. Matthew Star on Twitter is like a picture of a man who like has his dick tucked between his legs. <laughs> and let me tell you, that's not you, that's is not it? That's not me. No. no. Um, and uh, all that stuff. And then, yeah, at the UCB Theater and hopefully seeing you guys more often. All right, good. Oh, man. Uh, all right. You sweetie. You ha- sweetie. All right. Why oh, not? Uh, see you guys later. Yeah, you know, Sal was just coming here to get a drink of water. I really, I literally, I came to the training center for no reason other than that I've been biking all day and I wanted some water from the water. And the funny thing is, this is a... <laughs> been here for like two hours. And I've been here for two hours. And the funny now. thing is, I'm, we're considering this as like a brief oh, okay. appearance. This is probably the longest podcast <laughs> appearance you might ever do. Probably. Oh. Uh, yeah, I can't... There's very few them. podcasts that are two... Like the long end of a podcast tends to be about two hours. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so even if you do a two-hour podcast, you'll be like, well, I've already done two hours on a 12-hour podcast. <laughs> uh, so, but just to, so, so just to be clear, the thing the that I'm doing things. in return... No, no, we already... That hypothetical situation, if, the, if that, that happens, occur, that's yeah. the, that's the nuclear things, option. Yeah, that's, that's the land on zero. Yeah. yeah. But the land on black is... If somebody finds this tape of me... Uh, you will tell thing. late night writer. I'll tell Connor O'Malley that some people prefer to call you. Mark <laughs> no, 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 it was that you prefer to be called. Oh yes, I, I'll tell Connor O'Malley that I prefer to be called Mark Booney. And we were going to have it be the reward is that uh, it's the name of whoever finds it. Right. But let's give the option that it could be the name of whoever finds it. But they can also say. You can sub- they can give permission to substitute the name Mark Bruni. Oh, I thought it was just regardless who finds it, I'm going to say Mark Bruni. I, mean, no, I think Mark they have Bruni the option. I think they have the option, but I also can see there would be some funny unpredictability in if it was something like, uh, if like Rachel Hamstack or someone. Right. And that you'd be like, <laughs> but you're all, because you're just coming up with names up there, you're coming up with funny names that it would be funny to tell. Yeah, like, but, but, if, but there could be a funnier like name somebody, than we think of. Like if, if you went up to Conor O'Malley and said, 
Hey, Connor, uh, can I talk to you for a second? Yeah. This is how I want you to do it when you have the conversation with him. I'm, I'm probably, I might just do this. I mean, you it's an you might just do this effort. anyway. Like, I would just see Connor O'Malley one day at the theater or something. Like and you that, might just do this anyway. Personal. No, no, I'm saying it, it, it's it doesn't, not gonna involve, work. doesn't yeah. involve late night in any way. Like, I'm just going to see Connor it's O'Malley. It's better if you do it at the office, though. Well, I can't promise that just because I don't you know. He, he can't promise that he's going to do things ever, in his work time. Yeah, that, that's right. Oh, right. Of course. We're being smart. Um, oh, my God. The, uh, no, but the way I picture it is Connor's uh, working on writing something or something, but he's on his own, and you're not pulling him out of a, a writer's meeting or something. I don't, don't, gonna, don't, 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 don't know why we have to overly if, dissect this. If, I'm going to see Connor okay. If he's on stage this. doing a, don't do it bit. on air. Don't walk on air. Promise us you won't like, pull him out of a writer's meeting. Well, that seems, I don't know. I mean... You won't even promise that you won't pull him out of the writer's meeting. <laughs> you're, now, you are the most I'm, careful man. Like you're like, you know, you're just being contrary. Like I might pull him out of a writer's meeting. <laughs> now um, I'm just doing it to fluster you guys. Yeah. I don't know. But the Maybe way I will go on the way TV I, and let, live yeah. national television. <laughs> this whole process is like, like, like pulled apart. <laughs> the, the next late night show, a naked South run on TV, be like Mark Booney, Mark Booney, and it's just like. <laughs> We should have never had that conversation. Yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, way I put no, that. I'm just going to go up to Conor Manley in some capacity when I see him, which is at this point every day. The way I picture it happening, though, is in the offices. He's, he's at a moment where he's approachable, and you'd be like, hey, Conor, uh, can I talk to you for a second? As if it's going to be something kind of serious. Nice. You say, like, it's no big deal. I just, uh, I just want you to know that I prefer to be called Rachel Hamstack. <laughs> I prefer to be called what? Tom Pigeonwall. Okay. Huh? All right. All right. Just do The noises we're making are indistinguishable. Yeah. It won't even be. I don't even have to go up to him. I see him very regularly. I'll just in the hallway. I'll just be like, "Hey, Connor. I just want to let you know. People prefer to call me. No, I prefer to be called. Oh, sorry." It's very right. important to us and <laughs> yeah, to our to our I contest winner yeah, that right. that Connor I, understand that this is what you yes. want. I yeah 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I'll say yeah. Uh, I prefer to be called Doug. You know yeah. Seppenwall or something like that. And this is only if people find this clip, also. I mean, that's the that's the other thing is that no one will ever find this clip. There's <laughs> no been almost ever. no contest right. In the meantime, why don't you just tweet at Sal? The name Mark Booney. <laughs> Everyone tweet at Sal Gentile. Call him Mark Booney. Um, hashtag Mark Booney. Yeah. Wait. Uh, is it Isle or Eel? Well, we did, were you, we, t- we, did a, we did a long segment about his name. Yeah, it's I say Gentile. Just I, I said Isle for the longest time, and then someone corrected me, and so I reversed it like two years ago. Oh, so yeah. that just no, I don't say head. Gentile. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I. Have called him intentionally the wrong name for a long time, partly as part of a bit, but it's also become a habit, and I also prefer it. Uh, Connor thinks that I, it would help me be- get my own show if I, my name was Sal. Uh, Sal thinks but that I, I'd, I'd be, I'd have my own show. Or you could be Gentle Sal. Hi, Alyssa. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's. I think he thinks that the name Sal Gentile sounds aggressively anti-Semitic, <laughs> yeah. and that is a valid point. I never or think like of it that way. A really na- like a really like lame like Joe Schmo. Hey, it I'm does sound Sal like, Gentile. It does sound like it does sound <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, if, right. if, like uh, right, hacky. Like. Joe Schmo or Bazooka, like one of Bazooka Joe's friends, is Sal Gentile. <laughs> it does sound like you're part of the. Sal- it sounds like maybe there's like this like 
very like pro-Jewish like comic uh-huh. called like Bazooka Yosef, and it's like, hey, there's our friend Sal Gentile. And you're just like you're just like, ah, oh, I'm not gonna go to I'm not gonna go to Temple tonight. <laughs> yeah. That's how shit does. Oh God! Please, okay. Um, I want to ask for. A, don't make this public because I don't want to ruin. Let's be nice. Sal's been a good sport being on the show, but privately, if you can send us fan art of Sal Gentile. It says that that's his quote. Oh my god! Don't do that. Please Actually, don't I, do that. but it does delight me the idea that there would be fan art of that Bazooka Joe supporting <laughs> character. This podcast appearance has mostly been calamitous for me. This is yeah, but you're, you're pulling no, out I the mean, really, I don't want it to be. I, I would request legitimately some fan art that says that of Sal Gentile, where it says, "Call me." I prefer to be called Mark Booney. <laughs> Let's also, yeah, let's also just, funny. I will say Sal's uh, uh, so, being somewhat neurotic about this, so let's, let's, let's ease him. Let's ease him into this. Let's, let's make him feel comfortable. And so let's tweet at him something nice about Sal, something that genuinely will not make him feel uncomfortable also, and, and could perhaps help his career as opposed to getting his head the idea that somehow he'll be fired for his job for these things what's that the won't most, happen. Sal, what's the most helpful <laughs> career thing that someone could tweet for you? We want to be There's, constructive. No, I, I, I can't think of a constructive career thing, but um, I'm happy. Career for, only. The hashtag Mark Booney is funny to me. All right, good. I'm fine with that. And um, I'm okay. also do, fine do, with do, fan do, art that has me saying I'm... I'm, I'm not going to the <laughs> No, 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 no. I prefer to be called Mark Booney. The, That's I, good. I, I, think I you, don't want fan art of me saying I'm not going to the <laughs> I think you should tweet <laughs> at... Uh, make, make a... T- <laughs> oh, my God. Connor's having a hard time. I think we we should tweet at Sal. Sal's a pro. Hashtag Mark Booney. And you should change your Twitter name to be. And uh, the three characters that if there should be action figures of these characters, Um, uh, Bazooka Yosef, (laughs) uh, 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 (laughs) Mark as uh, Sal Gentile, aka Mark Booney, and, and King Bad Boy. Uh, those are the three action figures I want to see made out there. Yeah. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, you can see a lot of... Um, I did a lot of stuff during the election campaign with Sal and then did an uh, interview special with him. Uh, so I've done a lot of comedy with Sal over the past couple of years. And, but listeners of Akas won't realize... And I say this is part of a bit, but it's also a genuine compliment. Sal's one of, probably the one of, say, probably top five most attractive male improvisers in the UCB comedy community. I could say that, yeah. Right? Oh, boy. Would you say? Like if there I, was, would I say that? If there was a, I, I if there was a Mr. UCB pageant, like a beauty pageant yeah. for men at UCB, I think Sal would be one of the first people that people would think like, because you're sort of like, I would say, you'd be like... Uh, uh, you know how like people will say like Helen Mirren's like the thinking man's sex symbol. Uh, I've seen that before. That? Yeah, she had a great comeback, which was uh, people. Sal, she said, "Sal is the sexy librarian of the UCB." Yeah, because you, you have a your glasses give you that intellectual. You have kind of like a Clark Kent thing going, uh, which Clark Kent's always a 
is a weak device in the sense that Clark Kent is a very attractive right. character who's Except portrayed as a loser yeah. <laughs> because of his glasses, right. but he looks like Superman. And it's very sporty. Muscular and, yeah. Um, no, uh, Helen Mirren, when someone asked her what's it like to be uh, the thinking man's uh, sex symbol, she said, I think I'd prefer to be the sexy man's think symbol, uh, which I thought was a good comeback. Um, well, I'm flattered that you guys think that. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm not... Uh, this confirm James, this. This is James Dwyer. Hey, how's it going? Is this your first appearance on 12-Hour Day? Uh, this is my first appearance on 12-Hour Day. Will you confirm for us a theory that we just espoused? Uh, sure, what is that? If there was a Mr. UCB pageant, like a beauty pageant for male improvisers at UCB, don't you think that Sal would have a pretty good shot at top five? Top five? Yeah, top five. I see Sal top five. All right. So that's been confirmed by three people. Yeah. And denied by one person who has an agenda, which is Sal. You, you're modest, so you don't want to you don't promote that. Who would your top five be? Top five? For best looking males in, yeah. at UCB? Well, Sal Gentile, obviously. Yeah. Um, I'm going to forget people. It's okay. We're not going to hold you to this. this. How about just a couple names that you think would be in the running since kind of made up this fake competition here? Um, Tom Manzalillo for his eyes. Ooh, he has haunting, smoky eyes, right? Piercing yeah. blue eyes. Very piercing. Um, who else? Uh, ben Ramika, maybe, also for his eyes. Yeah, he's got classic leading man kind of looks, right? Yeah. James really likes eyes. The eyes are the window to the soul, and I don't know. Ben Ramika, who you can see in uh, Alpha House on Amazon, right. and also in a, a number of. Uh, Crest commercials that I don't think are running anymore. I can't think of any other eyes that strike so you, me. So, so you know he's got good teeth. Like Ben Ramirez has got right. such good teeth that the number one toothpaste in the country, maybe the world, uh, wanted to have his chompers on, on the TV. Yeah. I can't, pro- I can't think right now. What do, you, what, do you say, what do you say to the rumors that Ben Ramirez's teeth in the Crest commercials were entirely CGI? I don't know who started those rumors. I did, just now. You just started that? Yeah, what do you say to that rumor? I think Good that's one? false and you have nothing to prove it with. I don't. I don't have a thing to prove it. I think those are his real teeth, but... All right. Well, I think it's not... You shouldn't start rumors like that. Also, how are you doing today, James? Great. One of the last times I interacted with you on the street when you were having a bad day was when Connor and I were meeting up. How's today going? Today is a thousand times better than that day. I looked like a crazy person when you ran into me that day. Yeah, you weren't happy. And I remember telling Connor about that right after. Remember when I, you and I went home from Barnes and & Nobles and I was like, I just saw James Fryer. He didn't seem like he was in a good mood. Yeah, I remember you telling me that. I'm glad that you're in a better mood. Yeah, I feel great. Uh, I have to leave, though. Okay, fine. Nice, nice checking in. Sal, do you want us to bleep your interview? The entire thing. It'll just be like a two-hour long bleep. <laughs> we'll do it. Yeah. Um, we'll only leave this part. <laughs> there is something. The only reason I'm actually considering saying yes to this is because there's something very funny to me about releasing two, two hours. hours. How about we can release a censored and uncensored version? <laughs> Where you just bleep for two hours? <laughs> uh, clean, clean, and explicit on iTunes. <laughs> and the explicit is just the inclusion of Sal's interview. We also like. 
Well, but there would be no point to that because the real you probably give him. I think, but you give him more trouble because I think someone at your work would be like, "Man, what did Sal say? They bleeped his whole two hours." <laughs> but it seems like a pretty cool place to work. It's a great place to work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're just the fact that we're talking about it is now giving me more anxiety. Yeah, uh, but you're on one of the hottest shows on TV. You're, uh, you work on it. It's a great show. Yeah. And they and I love everyone there, and I love but I don't think you've said anything. I don't think you've said anything out loud. I think I've said some things that have crossed the mark a little bit, right? No, Sal's, Sal's only been but you're also you're time. also notoriously careful and considerate as a person. So the fact that you're feeling any concern at all is just more a sign of good character than any re- actual reason for concern. You know? Uh, I'm sure that's the case. I'm yeah. Generally, an anxious person. Yeah. It's like, you know, when you see people who they'll say things about, like, their body issues and you can see it and there's no problem at all, but they'll be like, oh, my God, I look terrible. And they're like, oh, it's their worry is just their own anxiety. Right. Yeah, I think that's what this is. Well, I... I'll tell you this. You always have a home on this podcast, regardless of how this shakes out. Whenever you need anything, Sal, you can can come here. Um... Yeah. When are you guys going to post this? Probably Thursday morning. During the hiatus. He's on two-week hiatus right now. Sal's, are we allowed to Sal- say that? Anyone can figure that out. That's not insider information. I know. Sal, Sal just seems uncomfortable that we're even addressing. You know, what, you want to know why it is? Here's what, I, here's what I think it is. I think it is because Sal really loves this job, and he really enjoys it. And this is... You know, Sal worked in the news world before this, which was fine. Cut thro- what, a cutthroat industry. A cutthroat though. industry. And his, People his in the hours news world. were very strange hours. And now he's got a job among friends at a really great place, and he really loves his job. And so doing anything that would slightly put that at risk makes him uncomfortable because he is so happy working at this place that he's good at working there. So that's why he doesn't want to put and any he- of it at risk. It's like, it's like a dream job for Sal right now. Love my job. And the last thing Sal wants is to get sent back into the news world where he might get shipped off to Iraq to cover Scud missiles. Because let, let me tell you about the assholes that Sal was working for before. Yeah, but I appreciate you throwing in that gratuitous Iraq reference. <laughs> it's not gratuitous. It's happening right now. I know you're not paying attention anymore because you're working in comedy. So you know Iraq is since you But Iraq is very big news right now. All right, guys, I want you to bleep all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, well, all right. Well, that, that, that two-hour bleep was shoving. That was the sound uh, deal interview. He said some pretty shocking things. <laughs> oh, my God. Have you ever bleeped anything on the show before? Yeah, we bleep yeah. where I work because I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> what? 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 <laughs> I honestly didn't realize how, hypocr- how hypocritical it was until the words were actually coming out of my mouth. What? No, the reason, let me explain why, okay? Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh my God. Here's, here's. <laughs> I feel, I feel, I feel so, used. so manipulated. No, here's what. <laughs> <laughs> That's a funny interview. Connor didn't even connect. <laughs> here's, here's, Connor, 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 
Here's the reason. Leap out the name of where he works. <laughs> if we say where you work, then what happens is people turn on their TVs and they watch it on the public airwaves. If I say where I work, people come to the building where it happens. That's Speaking the only reason. 30 Rock is located. <laughs> no, they, yeah. 30 Rock has great security. Oh, jeez. Um, I think it's so funny that we're giving Sal a hard time for not wanting don't to talk be worried about stuff. No, but I will talk about... The moment, the moment we... <laughs> the, the literally, moment, even just the very most yeah. basic details of where you work are not allowed on this show. More just the location. People know the nature of it. In solidarity with Sal, will you say the name of where you work? No. Yes. <laughs> because, no, listen, because... I don't have a good job. Like, Sal's a good job, and it's safe and secure and everything like that. I have not a good job. Uh, and people will come to where I work. And if you know me personally, that's great. I actually like it when people I know stop by my work while I'm working. But I feel weird about putting it out. If I don't know you yet, it's a weird thing to stop by while I'm at work. It's a weird place right. to meet somebody. Yeah. Because also because there is the weird thing that happens on this podcast, which is I am so open about so many things that someone who's listening to this now, by the end of this podcast, will have listened to me and JD talk for about 48 hours. I have people that I consider good friends that I probably, if you collectively add up the time in our conversations, it doesn't add up to 48 hours of actual conversation. Uh, and, and because we're revealing so much, there's a sense that when you listen to it, like I've had this with, when I listen to a really good interview with someone on a podcast, I kind of feel like I know them a little bit, so, but it's a very one-sided thing. Yeah. So to also give actual uh, physical uh, location data for me feels like I have exposed myself in a way that uh, I can't take back and that could have actual consequences for me. Uh, I... Uh... I can sympathize with you now. Um, I mean, if you want to, I mean, if someone wants to come see the stepfathers, there are ways to find me. It's just that while I'm at work, in I'm my very room, open about my work. In fact, I actually took work phone calls on on the, the air podcast, the first episode that you could actually hear the other half of the work conversation in the podcast that he thought he was like shielding, but you can actually hear the whole like, "Slow JD, when are we going to get the edits for the pilot?" Uh, <laughs> And the moment I realized that, people were tweeting like, "Hey, what's so and so?" And I was like, "Oh no!" Yeah, um, stepfathers every Friday night, UCB Chelsea, uh, nine o'clock. I'm open with that. You understand? It's not as hypocritical as it sounded in that moment of reveal when you when you were just casually asking. So, is there anything you guys actually have believed? And it was the one thing that I've been just saying, like, "Don't worry about it, buddy." You're like, "Oh, I, I don't say the name of my work." Um, yeah. I mean. Okay. You understand mine's more like I'm, I'm in a low-status job right. uh, where, it, where the public can come interact with me. Like, basically, Connor's dangling from a rope yeah. at chest level, and people can come up and hit him with sticks, whereas you're on some sort of elevator Up on a ladder. fucking pedestal in the sky. Just, just to be clear, I am... Uh, not going to do... Okay, here's the thing. So, we already... I'm just clarifying everything we've already... Oh, Jesus Christ. Are you about to back I'm out in, on your deal because out of spite for me because you're punishing Mark Booney? Right Don't punish the Mark Boonies of the world for my sins, <laughs> Sal. Mark I Bo- think what Sal's saying is nothing 
Nothing. He will do. He'll make no agreements that will in any way affect any of his work life. And we wouldn't want that anyway. Exactly. I if the only agreement that I've made is if somebody happens to find this incredibly obscure tape uh, that I don't think exists anywhere where you can actually find it. Um, I'll go up to my friend Connor O'Malley and I will tell him that I, I prefer to be called Mark Boone. And that's the agreement. That's the agreement. Great. But just know in the back of your head, friends, that he sees Connor very frequently on the set of Jesus Late Night Christ. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. uh, <laughs> Seth, just, Seth just literally has his head in his hand and he's like, you can see him calculating in his head like, what watch, he has to backtrack on. Now. Do you watch Game of Thrones? Yeah. Uh, part of me feels right now like uh, Ramsey Bolton. <laughs> like, the way the, the, it feels like, or if, I feel like you uh, feel like I'm the Ramsey Bolton of this. The way he plays mind games to a point where it entirely breaks a man, <laughs> but over such a long period of time. I am now reek. Reek. I am now reek. I don't know these references. Yeah, it's a great show. I'm sure it is. What did you think about season four? <laughs> uh, I um, I enjoyed it. I mean, I I didn't actually love the ending uh, the way it ended. Uh, it was I was more uh, I don't know. I have complicated mixed feelings. I'm still sorting through. About it's the a complicated end of the show. Season, yeah. Uh, and, you, I and I'm trying to. I don't want to say it in a way that gives anything away. Yeah. Do you read the books as well or no? No. I don't. no. Because a lot of the people who have really complicated feelings about season four are people who've read the books because there's things that have changed or left oh, out. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I have, don't have that. Effect. But in in a meta way that I can appreciate, I like that I have complicated feelings yeah. about it. Um, that is a good thing, regardless of ultimately how those feelings resolve themselves. It, a, a great thing about the show is that I have complicated feelings about it. And I, I have to actively sort through my feelings. Yeah. I feel like that's sometimes really... like. There are some shows that I just purely enjoy on sure. a certain level, and there's like the way the show like actively sometimes makes me feel bad. I yeah. feel like sure. I have a complicated relationship to that because there's things where I'm like, oh, I understand that this is dramatically interesting, but it makes me feel terrible. Absolutely, it's disappointing. Negative things happen. You feel badly about them, but that's drama. Yeah, um, it's an incredibly compelling story. I. Are you, J.D., are you getting up? Because I also have to go. I'm going to the bathroom. and then I, I, I like, at some point, I should, I guess. At some point, you should probably, go, go yeah. To, go with my, you yeah, go. this is, you've taken, uh, you've taken the place of Matt Cohen, really, in this episode. Because Matt Cohen has done two guest appearances on these episodes and really has uh, been a substantial part of the podcast. And I feel like you've sort of stepped quite uh, cozily into the Matt, Sal the coveted might, Matt Cohen slot. Might be the, have the fourth most airtime on 12-hour day. Wow. Yeah, and who knows? A future appearance could <clears throat> knock you right into third. You'll never... I'm going to make a prediction that the top two slots are hard to... Those are hard. Even if you guest hosted on a whole episode, you'd still really only have a solid shot at third place. Right. You'd have to... You'd have to guest host on... First place would be impossible because you'd have to essentially knock out both of us yeah. and then get the login for... 
the podcast distri- distribution mechanism. Yeah, not in release I will say, episodes. I will say I have to make my own podcast, my own twelve-hour day, and release it as an episode of your. Podcast. But in order for an account, it would have to go on our. You'd have to still get those access codes to our account. Not impossible, I have to say. Because it's already been made clear that it's easy to get. We our are vulnerable. From- we are hackable. What do you mean? What are you making that face for? It would be a great challenge for. Oh, you're kidding me. They're whispering things right now. Well, it won't matter. But we're going to change them all by the time this is going on, right? I think we change them all. We have to if they're all the same password. Well, now you've said it out loud. Yeah. They're all the same. The password that got hacked is also the password <laughs> now to everything that we have. It would, uh, it's a, I think it would be an amazing challenge for listeners to try to achieve this. For 12, out, 12 heads out there, yeah. to try to achieve the thing we're talking about, which is to become the most, to get number two in the will most, you, most airtime on the show will you by pro- recording your own podcast and then distributing them. How about this? Will you promise me uh, that if someone does that, you will go up to the host of the show you work on and say that you prefer to be No, I'm done. I'm not doing any promises related to any shows that I, any shows that I work on. I'm not doing this. What's that? Is this a podcast? Yes. Is it? Which one is it? It's called 12 Hour Day with JD and Connor. Okay, remember to self, when I get home, check this one out because I'm always looking for stuff to listen to during work. So, hey, what's your name? Patrick O'Connell. Patrick O'Connell, you are, you are now currently on 12 Hour Day with JD and Connor. Very cool. Uh, right. and if Connor Ratliff? That's right. Oh, dude, good luck on the 2016 bid, man. I saw your workout a couple months ago. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I was about to say, just hope you make it, bro. <laughs> hey, thanks. Do you think I have a good shot? Uh, Try Kickstarter if you haven't done so already. Hey, all right. All right. So you think funding is my main obstacle, right? <laughs> um, I think your main obstacle is probably uh, your passport if you haven't taken care of that yet. That's my passport? Yeah. No, I got dual citizenship. I'm great with okay. passports. Okay. Uh, funding. Fun- so lo- lodging, <laughs> lodging and funding. I think you can do this. I think That's you great. You. Thank you. That's awesome. if, if you will it, it is no dream. That's true. Or, Thank you, Patrick. Or if I have to quote Bruce Lee, when you see an opportunity, do not hit let it hit all by itself. Oh, that sounds easier. <laughs> I like that. What was that? Say that quote again. The, the uh, if you see the opportunity, do don't, not hit. Do not hit. Let it hit. Let it hit. Oh, Instead. I'm always happy to delegate. <laughs> you could not have received a more on game <laughs> support from someone else. For you. I'm breaking the fourth wall. It's true, yeah. yeah. But he said the Naturally, so the first thing you need is funding and then lodging and passports. <laughs> As if it's a given that the, the <laughs> athletics will be fine. You're like dangling, like, really? Not the fact that I cannot. Elig- eligibility and, uh, and ability, oh, I would say, are my two main uh, obstacles, right? Yes, yes. Would you say, what do you say is the bigger obstacle, Sal? Eligibility or ability? Well, the first entails the second. Oh, don't be tricky with your answer. Just be straight up with me. Second, then. Ability? Ability. Because right. you have to be able to accomplish something in any of these sports in order to be eligible. Because even, even if you were eligible, if you didn't have the ability, it would not matter. Yeah. yeah, but I could get into the Olympics. But also to be eligible, you have to do, you have to, you have right. to like meet certain. Right, like to be eligible in like track and field, you have to be one of the top two yeah. runners okay, yeah, in, but, in the country. So which, ability is the prime thing. Which you couldn't be eligible there's no loophole to become eligible but not have the ability yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but okay you don't somehow become eligible for the olympics without having it's any like oh man i got the eligibility i guess <laughs> yeah okay but all right but 
also bearing in mind this new info from Bruce Lee <laughs> about when the opportunity comes, don't hit, let it hit. So it's not, oh boy, I'm getting dragged into this. <laughs> oh my God. That's really funny. I love that. Uh, I feel happy for Patrick that he's like, I'm looking for podcasts. Mike, if you're looking for podcasts, and you suddenly discover one that's going to take up 48 hours of your time. And it's funny because he's going to be like, oh, I was on that for a second. Yeah, but like 40 hours hours to get to it. Um, Uh, Sal's going to the bathroom now. Um, I didn't push it too far, did I? No, he's just nervous. All right. He's a good guy. He's such a good guy. I'm really happy he was on this. Yeah. Um, What team is he on now? I'm so bad with uh, current team rosters. But Sal's on Herald Night now. So um, you can go see. Uh, I'm gonna look him up his uh, performance. His name face. is um, Wizard. Uh, what's the first thing that comes up when you Google his name? What Wizard? No. Uh, well, his UCB bio is first, followed by his Twitter, his LinkedIn, and then his PBS Need to Know website is uh, the fourth thing, and then his Tumblr. Um, his his headshot is probably one of the most straight-on headshots on the whole I've reform recently changed page. my headshot on the forum page. Um, let's see. He is on Apollo, which is a team at UCB that's had some very uh, uh, great success recently. They had a big cage match victory right before they got made. They were moved from being a Lloyd Knight to being a Herald Knight oh, team. Really? Yeah. Right after having some... Pre- I think they uh, knocked out Airwolf. They ended mm-hmm. Airwolf's run on uh, uh, Cage Match, which Airwolf is a very formidable Cage Match team. Um, yeah, so... Impressive. So if you want to see Sal doing actual comedy, uh, check out Apollo on Herald Night. Uh, we're just promoting the heck out of your stuff while you're in the bathroom. <laughs> uh, how did it, how did it feel? Like, Apollo's had a really good uh, year. Yeah, it's like, great. You, uh, you were basically from... Uh, you, you bumped off Airwolf on, on Cage Match, right? They, you ended their run, right? This year, so two years in a row. Last year we ended Ruru's run. Hey, so you're like Kingslayers. Yeah, we are. Uh, we're King, we're, we're, we, we beat Ruru, and this exa- happened the exact same way, which was last year we beat Ruru, we won twice, and then we lost to another weekend team uh-huh. that I did for love. Yeah. This year we beat Airwolf. And then we won, we won twice, and then we lost to Bramble's Ashes. Ah, so no shame in those defeats, certainly. No, those are no and then, and then you got, um, then you guys shortly after that got moved from Lloyd Knight to Herald Knight, right? That's right. Okay, yeah. so I got all the chronology right. Yeah. Um, that feels like a very, what I just did feels like a very um, Rachel Maddow sort of move where she'll like do a bunch of moves, and then when they, she goes to the guest, she'll be like, first confirmed, did I get anything wrong? Like she always asks like... Yeah. Uh, very, uh, the. Twelve Hour Day. We're uh, recording the Twelve Hour Day podcast. No, it's okay. It's too late. You're part of it. Yeah, anyone can be a part of it. You're in it. Now. You're in it to I win it. Not, I, oh no! I came here to get water, and I've been on the podcast for three hours. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing? Yeah. Introduce yourself to our podcast audience. Okay? Hi, I'm Claire. I really hate the sound of my voice. So. Well, you never have to listen to this podcast. And already, even if you wanted to, what if I we're like this? That's good. <laughs> it all sounds good, but also 
this is a 12 hour long podcast, so you are safely buried like okay, 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 seven okay. hours into it. Look what I just got. It's a mobile scanner Ooh. and it scans all paper to the cloud or your computer. And it has Wi-Fi and I'm super excited to organize all my documents. That's a great thing. I know. That's so I'm going to go home and nerd out. <laughs> all right. Well, enjoy that mobile scanner. Good Thank you so much. Good luck with your mobile scanner. Um, I'm moving this weekend and I'm coordinating all the volunteers for DCM. So uh, we have... 250 volunteers so far. We got 450 applications. I'm going a little crazy. Wait, so you rejected? How you rejected over 200 volunteers? Um, no, just 100 so far. Okay, but are there more rejections to come? Probably. What does one have to do to get rejected from wanting to work oh, for nothing? I'll explain it very easily to yeah. you. Essentially, we had people this year fill out an application which we've never done before. And basically, um, on the application it says, list your availability for the following days. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 12 a.m. to 12 a.m., mm. yeah. right? Some people legitimately wrote, not available, not available, not available. It's like, why'd you fill out the fucking application if you're not available that's an, any of those So that's days? an easy call. <laughs> yeah. That's like, you don't sweat those. No. It's like, well, you, that's a self... <laughs> Self-denial. You'd be surprised. We got so many people like that. It's like, why? Or some people who similarly, but different, were like, I'm available from 7 to 9 p.m., even though it clearly says, like, shifts are, like, up to 8 hours, yeah. between 6 and 8 hours. It's like, I'm available 7 to 9 p.m., 10 to 10.30, and Saturday uh, from 3 to 5. Mm. And then there are a few people who applied, like, we have crazy stalkers. Did yeah. You know that? Yep. They're, they, they're out. Do they, how do you, do you either have to already know that they are a crazy stalker, or do they put something that's like a tell? <laughs> they don't put a tell, the stalkers. Like, I'm available everywhere forever. I'm available everywhere where Steve, that guy. Yeah. Talk, American, Colbert. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Right. Wait, so does UCB have, like, a list of, like, known stalkers? I wouldn't say it's, like, a formal list. I'd say it exists in Rachel Mason's head and probably right. Chuck's head. And it's, like, people that, you know, they, yeah. they know. They got intel. They, they have intel. It's an internal list. It's so nice to see you. Good to I see wanted, you, Claire. Did you hear the news about the thing? Yes, I was just on a phone call about that. And? We shall see. Okay. I have something else. I'm JD doesn't want to talk about his work. On the, on the isn't that possible since JD's life is entirely comprised of work? Thank you. Oh. That was a harsh criticism of my it reality. It's just of it's my reality. very hard, and it's admirable for derelicts like myself who are surprised every time they ask to do something in exchange for money. Right. Well, <laughs> also, I would talk about this, but it's not a thing that is real yet. Whereas if it was real, I would be. I would, I would be throwing all cost to the wind. I admire your work ethic is what I meant to say. That I only said it in a mean way because I'm jealous and envious and feel self-conscious about my own work ethic or lack thereof. You are you work you were just talking about how you organizing like 300 people. I know but I'm doing a really bad job. That's how I opened the orientation. <laughs> I was like if you got if you got if you had any mistakes, it's 100% my fault. I'm so sorry. I don't know how to do this. Oh. Okay. Well, well, it was good to see you, Claire. Is this just one 12-hour podcast? This is, episode, this is episode four. This is episode four. Oh, there's four? This is the fourth. Oh, this is the fourth. 
Yeah. Yeah. Is that why you guys look like this? What do you mean? No, we haven't been doing them consecutively. That we take was a, few, a we, bold face dig. Uh, no, we, we take a few months you off. You guys look like you've been here for 40 hours. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, I w the reason I look like this uh, has been detailed in previous episodes. It's long and complicated. Yeah, the reason we look like this is... Him more than you. Yeah, that yeah. that would be Connor's thirty-seven years of life. Yeah, I well, we, I've hit I hit the midway point in my life today, uh, so now it's to the downhill slide. Did you go to see like a tarot card reader? No, I just have an internal uh, clock. Have you seen that movie? Which one? There's this movie where there's people have things on them that counts down. Oh, I heard about that. Is who's in that? Moment? Who's in that? Someone famous is in that. Probably. Uh, I can't remember who. It's called the timer. Yeah. I don't know who said that. Oh, uh, Karen, Karen Hammerberg said that. Karen Hammerberg said that. That was her brief appearance that she whispered in the background the name of the movie that Claire was trying to figure out. <laughs> Thank you, Claire. Thanks, guys. Good luck with all DCM. We will see. You. People will be listening. Here's what people can do. People will be listening to this likely in line waiting at DCM. Cool. If they run into you, Claire. They should say thank you for all the hard work you've done volunteering. They could do that. They could do that. So if you see Claire or any and of the can volunteers. Can I make a request? If you see me, just look at me in the eyes confidently and just say, it's all going to be okay. Yeah. And if if you you're at DCM <laughs> and you see Claire, look at her and say, it's all going to be okay. And if you don't know who Claire is or what she looks like, err on the side of saying it to everybody. <laughs> Anyone that looks like they could be a Claire that seems like their voice matches this Claire. Just look up, look anyone you don't know in the eye, point to them and say, it's all going to be okay. I feel like that's not a bad policy. I feel like if we could get that started as a trend at DCM, that if you don't know somebody, look them in the eye, point to them and say, hey, it's all going to be okay. I think that's how 12 heads should identify each other also, is that if you think someone else might listen to 12 hour a day, look them in the eyes, point at them and go, hey, it's, it's all okay. going to be okay. And let's hashtag that right now, okay, guys? Hashtag. Hey. Claire, do you have a Twitter? Yeah. What's your Twitter? Kelmanx. How do you spell French. that? Q U E L L E M I N X. It means what a minx in French. So. Somebody gave it to me. I mean, like, it's a nick. It used to be a nickname. I wasn't uh -huh. like, oh, me. I'm such a. But you picked it for the Twitter. I mean, yeah, but like, it made a lot of sense at the time. Sal, don't leave yet. No, I'm not leaving. <laughs> Okay, I'm so not, like, being, like, to stay on <laughs> so tweet at Claire, which is Quell Minx, Q U E L L M I N X. Q U E L L E M I N X. Q U E L L E M I N X. And tweet, just tell me it's all gonna be okay. Because tweet, it's all gonna be okay. I registered the domain name, it's all gonna be okay.com, because I really like registering domain names and I love being told it's gonna be okay. Like, but you okay. let the renewal slip and now someone else owns it and it's not Maybe. okay. I might have. Claire. I'm not very organized. What? It is all going to be okay. <sighs> Do you understand? Like, it yeah. takes me from like there to like here. I know. That's why I said it. And also because it's true. Thank you, Connor. Claire, I know you. I've worked with you before. Yeah, because I'm it's exhausted. It's all going to be fine. You're going to be okay. You'll be able to do it. Like just the fact that I mustered the energy to say it to you, you know that I must mean it. Otherwise, I would still be lying back in that chair. I know. You like got up. Yeah. Forward. Yeah. Big moves. Big moves. <laughs> Big moves happening. I'm not even sure I can conceive of what it would 
mean for someone to look like they've been sitting there for 43 hours. <laughs> I don't know what that looks like. But whatever it is, yeah, it's you It's guys. me. Uh, I know that last year, I, I would love for this to be the thing that catches on at DCM. And of course, it might not because we're, people are going to have to get <laughs> eight, eight, hours. eight hours into the podcast. You can, but I don't know what you would... I don't know. Like, <laughs> I can't even tell you where we are because it... it no, I know, but like, if you wanted to, like, if you were like, I'm bored, let me see what happens in an hour from now. Yeah, I mean, you could do it, but you would, be, you would not know what you'd missed. I really don't miss listen to Because last year I was pretty proud of the fact that last year I had all that Lifeway Kiefer stuff that I was giving out, and I had like hundreds of those fans. And so after the Gethard show, I still had tons of stuff left. So I walked up and down. There was like a long line of people waiting and they were all like in the heat. They were all like sprawled out on the sidewalk and everything. And so I, I just, I was heading from Gethard show over to uh, do a shuck show at, over at Hudson Guild. And so as we were going, we were just handing out um, uh, ice packs that we had and fans. And so the whole line, like the next wave of people who went in the theater all had these Lifeway Kiefer fans. And I know it became like a talking point in a number of shows. Like I think during the Benson interruption and the, during a show that I think Besser was doing, there were people like, why has everyone got fans about Kiefer? Uh, people think Lifeway Kiefer was sponsoring Yeah, like it, like it, I know, there was like a ton of them. Yeah. Ages until finally I was like, we're throwing these out because I like to organize when I get to right. out. And, um, and we, I took them out. There you go. So uh, visit uh, nycdump.org uh, to see if they're, if they've. Uh, <laughs> nyc.org slash dump. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> forward slash. It's always forward slash. Uh, and see if you can find any of those. Buried treasures. That would be amazing if the dump had a website where you could sort through all the things that are in the There's a search field where you can be like, hmm, my key. Another great idea. It's true. Here's how it should work. Okay, we should make a site where you have to, you register, and then every night you type in what you threw away that day. Yeah. And then it categorizes it so you can make sure, like, but then the funny thing is that you have to go through and like, because the only way it'd be helpful is if like you accidentally threw away like your ID or something. But that would mean you'd have to categorize that in your trash and be like, tonight throwing away. Yeah. yeah. That would be an accident. Exactly. Right. Which would be the the troublesome part of it yeah. is that then you would have willfully I thrown it. Weirdly, like I trust Connor a lot. Really? Yeah. Uh, why? No, no, no. Weird. Hmm. How are you feeling now, Sal? Are you hydrated? I'm hydrated, yeah. I got some more water. So you were drinking a lot of water while I'm here. That's a pretty big bike. It is a big bike. Yeah. I know it's funny, Ted. What, what brand of bike is it? What does it say? I can't read what does it say. It's a giant. 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 Oh. Yeah. I thought it was a G. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it was funny, it was kind of a stupid thing that happened when he kept t- at the bike shop when I was getting it. They kept telling me it was a giant Cypress because Cypress is the right. um, model. Model, yeah. Um, Bye, Claire. And he kept telling me it's a giant Cypress. And I, was, I didn't, I didn't know that Giant was the brand. So I was, I kept saying like, I just want a regular size Cypress. And he kept saying it's a giant Cypress. It's a giant normal Cypress. I was like, is it a giant regular size Cypress or is it a regular size Cypress or is it a giant Cypress? 
It was one of the dumber five minutes of my life. I just want a regular size cypher. I just want a regular size cypher. All right, well, this is a regular size giant cypress. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm I only... going to get back on my bike and ride more in the city. Good, well, I'm glad you stopped here to get water very quickly. Jesus. And three hours of fire. great water stuff. Yeah, th- th- that's the end of our... Uh, the late night roundtable was just a segment within uh, <laughs> Sal's water break. Yeah. <laughs> this is the end of Sal's water break. Which is a, a, a segment we may continue in future episodes. If Sal needs water, as we all do. Yeah. I will just do happenstance, stop for water where you guys are doing this right. podcast. We always try to keep, do the podcast near water. It's a natural survival uh, instinct. And just because we know it could lure Sal there. Yeah. That's right. Any source of water is prey for me. Any source of water is a friend of mine. Yes, that's right. Um, it was great talking to you guys. Thank you for being on the podcast, Sal. Thank you for having me. Accidentally. We're going to shake right. hands now. We're shaking hands with Sal. Sal's going to get on his bike. <laughs> We may talk about Sal for another three hours. Uh, Please don't. Well, then give us a topic. But first of all, I want to ask this. What I was mouthing you before (laughs) was um, when I asked uh, what does it take to get rejected, I looked to you and I mouthed the words, that's a good journalism question. It was, wasn't it? Because you're a former, you're a retired journalist. I mean, I you just, hung up the. You hung up your uh, hung press, up the, the press ticket in yeah. your hat. Hung up my press ID. Um, what does it take? In a certain context, yeah, it's. But Sam, why do you have to qualify your praise for me? I'm I am generous and effusive with my praise for you, and I always feel like it's like pulling teeth to try to get a. An unqualified compliment. Well, I feel like I've I feel like I feel like I've tr- I've tried to say a lot of nice things to Sal over the years. And he's a very he's he's not great for, at taking compliments. A, he's not great at taking compliments. Oh, I don't. I feel very self conscious about getting compliments. I, I don't. I mean, maybe that's a bad thing. So yeah. I feel very self conscious about being comfortable. But we're not talking about compliments for I you. I I appreciate. But now we're talking about. I'm just very I think that was a, about I think that was a really good, pretty good journalism question I asked, and you said, "Well, in a certain context, can we agree it's the context of good journalism?" <laughs> What's the context? Are you are you trying not to insult me? Just saying, like, yeah, that's a bush league question, or that's like maybe that that'd work in a smaller all, in a smaller just medium market. Shoot straight is what I think we're getting at. I don't shoot straight. No. This is a, now you're now you're giving me the. Opposite of compliments. Now you're insults. Me. <laughs> we call those insults. Yeah. That's a great title for a book. The opposite of compliments. Sounds like a great title for a book. Yeah. Uh, Mark Booney's The Opposite, opposite of, of Compliments. compliments. It's just a book of insults by Mark Booney. Well, what context? Sal you... <laughs> has taken off his glasses and Ram- is now <laughs> sobbing into his hands, I believe. Ramsey Bolton. <laughs> I'm nightmares for this podcast. I really am. No, it's great. You're doing great. I, I, I you want I, the honest answer is I didn't know whether Connor and I were doing our bit where I refused to give him any anything. This is my life, Sal. What are you doing, Connor? This is me for real. I'm breaking the fourth wall right now because you <laughs> said that I don't shoot straight. So I'm giving you an honest answer: is I'm breaking the fourth wall and saying that I play a character in Connor's burning bit as a 
idiot who does things. No, you're the smart. You're the smart no, guy. No, no, no. Connor's bit is that was is breaking apart. Connor's bit is as an idiot who pretends to things that he obviously can't accomplish, like running for president and trying to get into the Olympics. And my character in that bit is somebody who won't yield from his very principled, reasonable reactions to these things. And so I didn't know if I was doing that bit with him right now where I wouldn't grant him the basic like yeah. thing of, of, of whether it was a good All question. Right. But it was a pretty good question. I thought it was a very good question. Very good. Thank yeah. you. That's all I wanted. Yeah. Finally, Sal shoots straight for oh, once. Oh, no. Come on. <laughs> That's the end of our very brief segment. Straight shooting Sal. <laughs> straight, straight shooting with Sal. Is um, that segment a subsidiary of my water break? Are we still there? Yeah, we want fan art for Sal's water break. We want fan art for, uh, for the late night round table. Uh, we want fan art uh, for, for I, I prefer to be called Mark Booney. And we want fan art for uh, straight shooting Sal. We also and want the Bazooka Yosef. The Bazooka action figures made of Bazooka Yosef. Uh, Sal Jintao, uh, a.k.a. Mark Booney, and King Bad Boy. Any final words, Sal? Um, I could have gotten water anywhere. <laughs> also fan art for but that. Chose here. Well, <laughs> That's for the fan art for Sal's water break. <laughs> throwing up his hands like he just did. Like throwing his hands in the air, for, exasperated, saying, I could have gotten water anywhere. <laughs> oh, this has been very fun. Enjoy the rest of your 12-hour day, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Sal. Yeah. And now he's going to ri- ride his giant cypress away. Oh, wait, let me give you a topic so you won't talk about it for three hours. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, uh, balloon rides. Hot air balloon rides. Balloon, oh, it's like balloon rides. Okay. Alright. Alright. Go from there. How do you think Sal would act on a balloon ride? Brave, handsome. <laughs> <laughs> I bet if I was a if I was a, a woman or uh or if I was a, uh if I was a homosexual male or a heterosexual woman or a bisexual of either of those genders. And Sal Gentile asked me to go on a hot air balloon ride. I wouldn't be able to believe my luck. Yeah, I agree. It's a good guy, Sal. It's very awkward for me to leave while you guys are still talking. Just, just go, Sal. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Uh, Sarah, you should, you should go on. Uh, Sal. Sal is riding his, I'm going to say, comically large bicycle away. It's, it's the closest thing that you could get. I know, they were, I know that it's just the name of it, but it got that name for a reason. Uh, and that's the closest thing. If you shrunk that back bike, people would think you were riding a penny-farthing bicycle. You shrunk that. I assure you it's not. This is a large bike. Any large-sized bike. Looks pretty big to me, and it's funny. <laughs> Jamie, is this funny to you? Uh, it's funny to me that you're, you're, I don't just the fact that your bike is under assault right now, <laughs> and that you're uncomfortable defending it is funny to me. I still have a city bike membership. I just also have my own bike. Sal still has a city bike membership. He also has his own bike. You're in Queens or We don't give locations out. We don't give locations out. Someone just tried to loca- give a location out on Sal. I'm not going to do it. Sal. If you, let me just say this. 
If you see... <laughs> Don't say it's, it's been three best. hours of that. It's been three hours of... Wait, let me just if you say s- this. If you, see, if you see a man on riding a comically large bicycle in the streets of New York, keep it to yourself. He deserves his privacy, as do we all. Hashtag Mark Mooney. I, I identify more with Mark Mooney than Sal Gentile at this point. Hey, there's no question how to pronounce it. That's a way. No one says, and you probably changed it to Mark Bounet. No. We can't have this conversation if Sal's going to be 20 feet away from the yeah. microphone. Yeah. Have a good day, Sal. Bye, Sal. Oh. Now it's just you and me, JD. Yeah. I mean, we're also surrounded by the people here. It's true. Beautiful people. But everyone deserves their well, privacy. Sarah. Uh, Sarah Burton, improviser, comedian, has asked us what, what we're doing. And my answer is we're recording episode four of 12 Hour Day with Connor and JD. Okay. And you're how long? I think we're uh, about eight, six. We started at 1230 and it's now 730. Yes, yeah, so it's seven, seven hours. How many cards have you gone through? Cards. Cards? Oh, no. What kind of cards? I don't know, like oh. for recording? We have one 32 gigabyte SD oh, card that I record onto. And it's, only, it's only audio, so. Yeah. It'd be cool if you could film it, though. Like with some pictures. If we, could do a, if we could do one. <laughs> you, are you describing what video was? Yeah. Yeah. Like a lot of photos, like millions of them. Um, it wouldn't be a bad idea to do a. Uh, a video episode. We could do it at M&M probably, right? Why do we have to do m M&M? Let's just do it somewhere that's not a television studio we have to book out for 24 hours. If you got a GoPro, you could put it on your head. and You, could you go got a GoPro? There. You regretted buying it. I have a GoPro. I also have an HBX and you can do a constant recording with an HBX. You can swap, hot swap. I was just trying to make it easier on you because you're always so stressed out about batteries and you get really mad and you're worried that I thought it'd be easier if you were just in a Locked facility where you wouldn't have to worry about all yeah, the different technical you issues. HBX and you can hot swap cars in that, so it can never stop recording. But you can take out, dump, why, race. Why aren't we doing that now? Because that takes up so much more time and data than this. Yeah, and people want to listen to audio. They don't want to be chained to watching video. My roommate has a GoPro, and he filmed himself driving from Pittsburgh to New York, mm-hmm. and he made us watch it. And it was really boring, except for the one time where he goes to McDonald's and buys a 20-piece chicken McNugget, and you just see him eating it as he's driving. It's really sad. It, it was a fa- it was fast forwarded. It was fast yes. forwarded, but you just saw you just saw it really quickly, and we're like, go back. Right. That's the ate, you just ate 20 chicken nuggets while driving. While driving. Uh, yeah, that is sort of sad. Sad, yeah. unsafe. Yeah. Uh, that covers the gamut, right? There's, yeah. n- there's really no. I think that's the riskiest thing you can do. Like, it, it's also. That's one. It's like there's certain things in this world that you can't say like, well, the upside of that is this. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not an impressive aspect of it. It's just like sad, unsafe. It's only on the unhealthy. Unhealthy. Yeah, like at least if he was eating a bunch of broccoli while driving, it would be sad. But it would also be like, well, at least yeah, a lot of the good nutrients. nutrients. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So you really can't, like on those, uh, uh, you know those charts they have like in New York Magazine where it's got the quadrants and this side's like good and classy and this side's kind of like lowbrow but also good and over here is highbrow but yeah, terrible yeah, yeah. and lowbrow and terrible is like the... Right, so you're saying the X is good and bad, yeah. Y is classy and... Yeah, it's... Lowbrow and terrible. Yeah. 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 
the worst of the worst. Where do you guys land on fast food? Where do I? Like, do you, like, things like McDonald's, I'll, Taco Bell, you know Burger what? King. Like, I'm not going, I'm not typically going to eat them, but, like, let's just say that when my dad comes to New York, he'll be like, Sarah, let's go to KFC, because I'm, like, the only one in my family that will, you know? Okay. Like, I, I give in. I give in a lot. KFC is your guilty pleasure? I'm not going to just say KFC. I'll, I'll, go to, I'll go to any of them. Subway's the only one I won't go to. Subway. Why? Because they took plastic out of the bread. Oh, they didn't take yeah. plastic out? Oh, well, then I mean, they, they, they met you halfway. I don't know. It, it always, the smell in that place makes me want to throw up. Maybe. I always had a problem with Subway. Because, I always had a problem with Subway, which was that the few times when it first opened, the few times that I went in there, my tendency is to order... Uh, a plain sandwich, which is literally just meat and bread, which makes it, A, a very overpriced sandwich oh, if you go yeah. to Subway. And so their reaction tends to be like, they can't believe that I was paying that. And they were like, you don't want this? You don't, and they would like go through the whole thing. Like, you don't want it? You just want this? And I'd be like, and they would like not want to give me the sandwich because they were convinced they somehow there was some you. weird... Also, were you like a nine-year-old child when you first went to Subway? Or was no, I was Sarah, like a teenager. Sarah, you've touched oh. a, and like oh, a, so and a yeah. current adult. Uh, no, I... Uh, You're a picky eater. Yeah. Uh, just, no, not picky. I'm particular. That's uh, what I always say. That's, that's a good, always your answer. That would be a good uh, T-shirt. I'm not picky. I'm particular. Because that in itself is a very picky statement. Right. Uh, picked, that's a, that's a good... pick that word. Yeah. That's a good T-shirt that would be at, like, we sold at, like, one of those shops on, like, St. Mark's along with, like... I'm not take, having a bad day. You're having a bad day because I'm having a bad like. You know. Yeah, or, or take me drunk. I'm home. Right. Yeah. Um, or fuck you, you fucking fuck. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's your favorite fast food though? Because you've said one that's oh, sort of like you'll dude. go along, and it's your dad's favorite. My favorite. Oh, I'm gonna feel. I feel so bad saying this. Well, we're not probably endorsing this. Chick Fil A, probably. Okay, and the thing I'm is, sorry. but you're, no, but the thing is, I mean, you feel the shame, uh, she's buried her head I'm in her so hands sorry. out of shame. Sarah's sobbing her hands now. I know what now. they do, guys. I know what they do. And what they represent. And what they represent, and I still will buy some, and I feel so bad. But the thing, but the thing is, um, you, all you're doing is compartmentalizing, mm -hmm. and everybody does that to a certain extent. There's lots of fast food chains that we have no idea what the political agenda is of the companies that run them. My assumption is that they're into some pretty shady things. Chick-fil-A, I will say, as horrible as they are, and they are horrible, um, their cards are on the table. Yeah. Right. We know what they're, what's bad about them. And you like pickles with chicken, right? I, I, I do. You like that pickle. I like the pickle. I like the Polynesian sauce. I yeah. Like it. I like it all. It's really But also, you, you also, it seems like from what you're talking about, it's not like this is a regular thing. It's just occasionally a guilty pleasure. It's not even a full Chick-fil-A. And I went to it many times. This is part of NYU. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But they don't even... Yeah, it's it's like a Chick-fil-A Chick Express. It's gone now, though. It's not there anymore? No, yeah. after, all. after all of the... Wow. A new, a new one opened up in my hometown since the controversy. <laughs> so and, what's your and hometown? Jefferson City, Missouri. Oh. And, the, and people now, like, when they opened up, it was like... Go, people going there as a, as a political act, like, we're going here to eat these sandwiches against gay yeah. marriage. Um, yeah. yeah. I should probably donate money. Right? Yeah, every time should you... Donate money? Well, here's the thing that I think sort of helps, though, is that, like, it's not that you are endorsing... I'm going to check the batteries as I okay, talk. Cool. It's not that you are endorsing in any way 
Brussels. Chick-fil-A because even now in saying that you like eating there, mm -hmm. you also feel compelled to say yeah, you yeah. hate the company yeah. and you hate what it stands for, That's which is, true. you know, uh, not an endorsement of them mm -hmm. as a company. Yeah, it's not like they're, gonna, they're not going to put you in their ads now. They're going to be like, listen to this complicated reaction. Right? It's not like people are going to hear this and be like, oh, Sarah eats Chick-fil-A, so I'm going to eat there too. Yeah. You're, you're like, I eat there, but I feel bad about it. People who eat there should feel bad about it. So yeah. I feel like you're doing your due diligence by whenever you do. By having feelings right. and expressing feelings. By expressing those yeah. thoughts. I mean, I have a complicated reaction to fast food. I don't really eat fast food when I'm in New York, but when I'm in Missouri, there are places that like I feel like compelled to like go to Arby's. Anytime I'm on Turco and there's an Arby's nearby, uh, I want to go there and eat there. Uh, now, for me, Arby's, I didn't grow up with Arby's, but Hardee's used to be kind of like Ar Arby's. Then it became, Hardee's was like a regional Arby's. Yeah, we had Hardee's, I feel like we had and Hardee's, Arby's. Hardee's Where are you changed. from, Sarah? Or like Maryland and then Pennsylvania. Maybe in Pennsylvania. But then Hardee's at one point changed. It was owned by the same people who do a chain called Carl's Jr., Yes, that's how I know. Hardee's changed okay. into because Hardee's used to be their signature sandwich used to be roast beef sandwich and hot ham and cheese and these things. And then I remember having the experience of when I lived in England, I would come home like in the summer times or at Christmas. And I came home at one point, and as I was making my rounds of like the different places that I wanted to eat while I was home, I went through the drive-through at Hardee's, and I didn't realize they'd changed and stopped being a roast beef and started being basically a Carl's Jr. hamburger yeah. place, which I don't, I didn't like Carl's Jr. And I went through the drive-thru and I, I looked, I didn't see a roast beef sandwich on the menu. I said, hey, welcome to Hardee's, how may I help you? And I said, uh, just like a roast beef sandwich. And there was like a pause and I said, we don't serve roast beef sandwiches anymore. And I was going, what? And they like, we don't serve roast beef sandwiches anymore. I said, you're kidding me. You don't, I mean, it just stopped? And I said, well, I'm furious. And I, I drove away. And, uh, <laughs> but Arby's is the one that I'll go to. I always think I'm going to go to, every time I'm home, I always think I'm going to go to Long John Silver's, which is like a fish oh, place. Yeah. And I never do. I always think, like, I'm going to go there and get that. I would probably feel so bad after eating there, uh, just like healthy-wise, because uh, it's just one of those things where you get like fish and like... Yeah. <laughs> it's all like the fried. Fried and just like, and like, yeah. Um, and like hush puppies, which is just fried bread and things like that. But... I remember, like, when I was first in New York, Wendy's used to be the, the fast food place yeah. I really liked. Wendy's, high school was Wendy's for me, yeah. Uh, junior Frosty. They're tiny, they're like a child's Frosty, I loved it. Yeah. And I'm actually kind of glad sometimes, as much as I want everything to stay the same, I'm sometimes glad when these places change their recipe, because, like, I used to really like Wendy's fries, and then they changed them at one point, and then I'm like, oh, well, I don't have any associations with these fries. So I can kind of kick the habit because it's like, well, you stopped making them. Yeah. And I don't need to form a new attachment to this. But I can remember a time when, like, I would sort of break down and go into a Wendy's in New York City. And every time, Cry. it felt like... Did you ever see the movie, uh, I think it was in Jungle Fever, the Spike Lee movie, when um, uh, one of the characters is, like, a drug addict and someone goes, I think, looking for, like, their daughter or their son into like a, a crack house and it's just like all the, and it's just like a nightmare it's like a vision of like Dante or something 
that's kind of how it feels when I've gone into like a New York City Wendy's. Like I'll go in, and it's like crowded, but it's like doesn't seem like anybody there's happy. Yeah. Everyone seems kind of just like it's a, it's got it's just a horrible atmosphere. Wants to be there. And then there's a but there's a long yeah. line. Well, New York fast food is like because New York is so full of good restaurants and cheap places to eat good food. If yeah. you go to fast food in New York, there's something twisted about you. Yeah. There's like something, there's something broken. fundamentally broken. So it's just these places where it's like, because I feel like in like suburban fast food, just like, yeah, it's like yeah. teenagers and people oh and stuff God. like that. So are you just reminding me, I was reading my journal from like when I was in second and third grade and I wrote it in every day. And the number of times I wrote about going to McDonald's, it's like hilarious. I was like, yeah. mom, you took me to McDonald's like every day. Do you know you did that Do you have fond me? memories of going to McDonald's with your mom? Now? I don't, not, nah, I don't really. Like my mom and I, I used to go, my mom and I used to go, she would pick me up from school and we'd go to McDonald's and I would get like a hot chocolate or something and she would get a coffee and we would read the papers. Oh, and, that's and, that's and, and that was just always a really nice thing because we'd go and we, she'd read her section of the paper and I'd read mine and it's just like a nice ritual. Uh, but yeah. There's also the thing of like, Outside of in where fast food restaurants exist in the suburbs, they exist in their own buildings that feel like what the building's supposed to look like. Yeah. In the cities, they feel like they're just crammed into whatever you can, yeah. whatever you can do, and uh, whatever they can fit. They never feel natural to the city, mm-hmm. even if they try their best to make it a nice use of the building. It's, it never feels right. I actually, when I was in Finland a few months ago for a Turco thing, this is a sad story. It goes from brag to, to shame brag really quickly. To sad. Hashtag shame brag. Shame brag. Well, no. Um, I was, they, they, had, they were very excited in Finland that they just opened a Burger King in Helsinki. Mm-hmm. And there was a day when we all split up. And I just wanted some cheap food. I didn't have a lot of money. And we had eaten in various contexts where the food had been kind of expensive. And I was just like, I just want to, I'm hungry, but I don't want to spend a lot of money. So I went into Burger King, and I got food in the, uh, in the Burger King. And I, w- and I went and sat in the downstairs. And it was very much like a city fast food restaurant. But it was nicer than the New York City one. It was, like, cleaner. Um, but I went downstairs, and I was sitting there. And there weren't a lot of other people in the downstairs area. And this Finnish teenager came downstairs, and he started... Uh, kind of he put his hand on my tray and started like looking and I was like Ooh, what are you doing and the guy's like do you have codes do you have codes and I said what? code for what code for what for the bathroom for the bathroom and on the receipt there was a code that would let you in to use the bathroom but I was essentially bullied by a Finnish teenager into giving up the bathroom code at the Burger King and it felt like weirdly like terrifying because I was kind of alone in this basement and I don't like teenagers and <laughs> it felt like there was really nothing I could do because I also was a, I had a receipt I gave him the, I gave him the, well also I didn't have any leverage because I didn't know what he was looking for like I didn't understand and then I was right. like oh there's a code I'm like there's the code I said yeah can you use it and uh, and then I was like don't touch my tray and then he went and used it. But then I was like, I don't know what happens now. Like, I, it was such a weird interaction to have with a teenager in a foreign he country. He killed himself in there. 
I mean, everyone's got problems. Would you feel guilty about it? No. I, I compartmentalize that the same way you compartmentalize going to Chick-fil-A. <laughs> it's a separate issue. When I was... Uh, I feel like I was just wrong place, wrong time. <laughs> I, I did, at NYU, we did, there's a study abroad program in the Czech Republic that I did. Ooh. And we were there for a long time, and there's, no, there's very few, like, Americanized restaurants there. You know, it's like there's not really fast food or things like that. Mm-hmm. But there's one American-themed restaurant that they had that, like, whatever, like, two months in, we were like, you know what? We haven't had, like, American food or any of that culture in a long time. Let's just go there tonight for fun. We went there, and you walk in, and it's like, like, Pulp Fiction was playing on the TV and, like, every sports team's things. And it was, like, literally, like, the most, like, it was only things that, like, would permeate that deep into another country's culture that would be American things. It was so, so, so strange. understand how it connects, so they just put it all in there. Right. What it felt like was like, you know, in dreams when you're in your home in a dream, and Mm -hmm. it looks and feels similar, but there's things that are slightly off that makes it feel more upsetting than if it were actually just a, a strange place. It felt like that where it was like, like, oh, how come there's a Packers jersey but it's like a Packers jersey from like the mid '80s, and like it's not a player that yeah it would anyone be, would know. It's like a Brett Favre jersey. It's like a like I, w- I could not yeah. Tommy McGillis. Yeah, exactly. You know? It's like whoever like a tight end was that was like second string was like, why is this here? Or like it's like a Tarantino, like you know, the cover to Pulp Fiction in the frame, but it's yeah. like the international cover, so it's not one that's recognizable. It's like an American. Right. So it's like very strange. Like, I guess these are American things, but something feels wrong about it. Like if it. you open up a Japanese restaurant and you're playing like Kurosawa movies, you'd be like, well, there's no restaurant that would play those. Right. Just because you know that it's like a thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was very strange and it made us all feel very uncomfortable at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, I remember in Dublin, whatever there, there was some like restaurant that was like an American style diner and the like American stuff hamburger had an egg on it. And I was just like, what? From last night? This is, yeah. a, you know, is this a thing somewhere? Is, is, where is that a thing? Really? Have you ever heard of that? No, I've never. I heard of it, but it's not like a... It's not a first an, thing that you yeah. think of. It would be, like, oh, be an unusual American thing here. It made me angry. So I was like, they don't know me. The, the Irish were like the closest... They're like the most American Europeans. Right. Yeah. should know us better. Right. Yeah. That's troubling. That's troubling. And how are, things, how are other things, Sarah? What else is going on in your life right now? Um, well, I'm about to have a pitch meeting for mm-hmm. a game show. For what? The game, a game show. Everyone's here. Okay. Game show. So it's like, it's pretty now. So do you have a lot of game show pitches ready to go? I have two on my phone, and I plan on, you know, just making some money. Mm-hmm. So. Connor and I could probably help you. Yeah, I'd love to. We just want to, what is the template for this? The template is, it's uh, basically, there are three contestants, they're real contestants, like uh, two are pre-shows and one's from the audience, and then a, basically a character, Ryan Simmons is the host, and then a character comes out, um and ask three questions in a comedic fashion. Um, at least three, could be more. And that's and then they leave. That's pretty much it. And so it's trivia questions. They're real trivia. They're, it's either tri- it's tri- it's buzzing questions. It's right on the board questions. Um, we've done like some pyramid style. Ver- like there's you can get creative with that. You know. Yeah. It's probably do you, do you have a name for that one? 
for, for what one? For that template, is that is that really fall knows. under like your pitch? Do you have to name oh. these things? Yeah, yeah. I would have. To, I, I would be like, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about this as a buzzing game. Or okay. I'm thinking about this as a whiteboard or pyramid or some people make up one like uh, once. Uh, let me, there, there, we did one where it was a map of. We put up a map of the United States. Right. And people had to guess where three cities were. Mm-hmm. And we flipped it. And they measured how close they were. So it's like you know, like I really like any of your ideas here. Can we tell you what I have right now? Yeah. yeah. So can, okay. I, don't, I think I don't want too hard. Um, right, Sarah picked up her phone and then immediately realized she did not need to look at her phone. <laughs> there are only two ideas. So. And I, they were from earlier today. So. Yeah. You guys seen those Russian cam videos? Yeah. No, dash cam videos? The dash cam videos. What are they? Basically, in Russia, there's a lot of insurance fraud that goes on. So oh, it's okay. norm in Russia to have video cameras on your, the, the dashboard of your car. Mm-hmm. To, yeah. So that no one can commit insurance fraud on you. Yeah. Yeah. So um, there's some that are like either like really horrible or horrific deaths. Like yeah. horrific stuff blowing up. So mm-hmm. we've seen that coming out as like a Russian lady maybe who works for the insurance company over there, but, like, showing these videos and then, like, pausing it before something happens, and they have to, like, maybe A, B, C, and D, C or D, guess what happens next yeah. in the video. Kind of kind of, I think that's pretty good. Yeah. Fun, I think. Then maybe, I don't know, I have to decide, because maybe, I think I might have to find the videos where people don't horrifically die, because that might make, you know, that might make people a little sad. Right, it would be a, a depressing game show to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, whether you guess it right or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, because, like, I'm going to make them watch the end eventually. Or it could be, like, something happens. Like, you say what's about to happen. Yeah. Does it happen like this, like this, or like this? Like, yeah. this person's about to get, like, knocked over by, like... Yeah, yeah. A moose that's running around Russia. Yeah. Are they going to fall to the right or the left of the median of the road? Um, yeah. How about this? Uh, a game show called Snuff Buff or That's Enough. And uh, you see, you watch okay. a snippet of a video, and then the person has to guess whether they're about to watch a snuff film, uh, a film involving nudity, or they can say that's enough if they don't want to watch any more videos. Right. <laughs> right. Oh, I love it. You guys, that, yeah, that's great. I love that. I mean, one I've been trying to get through, the, the game show, which I haven't gotten through yet, so I'm probably not going to repitch, which is... Uh, Blind porn? Have you guys looked into yeah. this at all? What's yeah, you know that? what I'm talking about? It's like, there's, I think it's like, might be blindporn.org or blindpornfortheblind.org or something. Mm-hmm. It's like people record, they just they watch videos, mm-hmm. porn videos, and they describe what's going on in the video and for blind people. Uh-huh. And it's very funny to listen to. So they hear the description plus the audio? Usually it's just the description. Just the description. It's and it's like I listen to some where it's like somebody being judgmental. Yeah. You know they're like you know, it's like two ladies in a jail scene. I mean it looks. Looks, looks like they like must have committed a pretty awful crime. <laughs> no. okay. Or like, yeah, go ahead. What if you what if you took like you know how they'll do like porn parodies of movies or properties that exist? Yeah. At a certain point they once they're like full on in the throes of whatever sexual mm-hmm. things going on it's very difficult to tell what the base property oh, what is the, yeah what they're yeah. spoofing yeah so that'd be funny to find like oh, like like here's like the scooby-doo porn but it's like a section where like everyone's naked and it's just like a full-on orgy happening and there's very few context clues as to what yeah it's just like shaggy having sex with selma right 
it's hard to tell that that's Scooby-Doo. Right, and then it's like, what? Just like a scruffy guy and a bookish woman. Exactly. I think that would be interesting. Yeah, that's fun. It would be a hard game. It would be a hard game, but you could sort of trick and choose your moments. People love, you know, they don't like horrifying death. Mm -hmm. No one does. They love sex. They love sex. Porn is a universal... Language of yeah. love. Yeah. <laughs> universal, universal language of romance. Yeah. yeah, that's like if you go to Italy and you're like, yeah. oh, how do oh. I tell this girl I like her? You like pull <laughs> Here, watch this. This is how I feel <laughs> about you. Hey, why do you have to go to Italy for any of this to happen? <laughs> why is Italy a part of it? It's like you're having trouble... You know, telling them uh, how you love them because you I cannot find. Oh, 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 I see what yeah. you're saying. I, I, thought, I thought Italy was in some way like if you're having romance <laughs> troubles, if you, you go to Italy, you can get the answer I mean, there. Is, yeah. I can't find the words to say how I feel about you, so please watch this three minute clip. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, it's a it's a huge industry. Yeah, I feel like porn. Uh, we've the, gone from we've gone from uh, well, we've gone from fast food to pornography. I feel like we're keeping we're in a, a modern theme. It's big business, right? With a lot of questions, and a lot of people have questions. A lot of people don't want to ask those questions. They just want chicken with a pickle on. Yeah. Here's the thing that I think I actually really appreciate about porn mm-hmm. is that it's very much user based in the sense that. The people who create porn create niches for anyone. So it's like there's more content variance in porn than maybe any other type of media, right? Like, it's not just there's a couple categories. It's like there's subcategories, subcategories of subcategories. And that's tags are so important. And I feel like people who are uploading these videos need to be better with their tags. With their tagging? It's not searchable. Because you might might have the same... You know, idea of what you want to watch is what mm-hmm. somebody put up, but if they didn't, so it's, they the, didn't it's the metadata, stupid, so right? Yeah, right. It is. Uh, and also, I'm sure there's, so yeah, I'm sure there's tags. The more specific a tag is, probably the more specific you can appropriate that for whatever niche you are into, right? Now, I have a, I have a question. I was always amused by the um, when I was a teenager, Blockbuster Video opened up in my town, right? And they were notorious for having, um, Blockbuster was obviously notorious for not having NC-17 movies, um, which eliminated a lot of really important films because they wouldn't carry them, or they'd carry like the edited versions, I think, there, there were, they would carry like a clean version of it. Right, like Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah. And so there was a lot of controversy about this. But, and I don't know if this was just a local thing or if this happened throughout the chain, but they had these categories that really made me laugh because they had... Um, they had the they had comedies, but then they had a section called wild comedies, oh and wild comedies were sex comedies basically. Right. And the local blockbuster selection of wild comedies was so immense that I'm like, this defeats the purpose of the fact that you're trying to look squeaky clean by not having NC-17, right. because you also got this huge section of sex comedies. That might be R-rated, but like they're very like there was w- the one that made uh, me laugh the most. The funniest one there was there was a movie. I have no idea what the context of this movie was, but the the movie was called Alvin Purple. Have you heard of this? No. Google Alvin Purple. Alvin Purple. The cover of the VHS box was four the bottoms of four feet. Uh, 
at the bottom of a bed with a sheet over them. And uh, it was basically a man's left foot, a woman's left foot, a woman's right foot, and a man's right foot. That was the order of the feet, right. of the feet if that makes sense as an image. Mm. And the tagline for the, for the movie was, it's not just a little color he puts in between, he puts in girls' cheeks. So that feels like that's barely a comedy Wait, is purple, then. A purple a normal color in your cheeks? Like, is that a. Did he punch them? <laughs> oh my god. What an allegation. Uh, no, like, I think it's the idea of uh, someone putting a little color into your cheeks, like that you would blush or something, maybe. Yeah, but his name, last name is Purple, and that's a specific. Alvin color. Purple. Yeah, it does seem like he, a punch. Um, also, I don't know if I Alvin Purple might have been a. It's not a very good quality. But I and I missed I missed the direction of the of the feet. I I thought originally that the, all the feet were facing downward. Instead, it's the man's feet are toes to the sky, and the woman's feet are toes. But to the also, ground. I'll say this too: is that isn't the implication that he's putting his penis in their mouth? Uh, unless it means uh, rear cheeks, those cheeks. Oh, I see. Okay, oh, a woman's bottom. Penis, but even the, still, the, the way that. Penis? Even still, the the way that the feet are oriented, yeah, that definitely implies that, not. That yeah, that's not. You're it works for tall. neither of those. Yeah, he's super tall. <laughs> right. Well, she would have to be. Or tiny. A child. I mean, his feet are. Oh my! Now, now, not only does he beat her, she's a child. child. This should not have no, been. but his his feet are twice as big as hers, right? Yeah, no doubt. Um, so she could just be a smaller woman. Um, but like that doesn't look like a movie that would be carried. Because it's not like that was a famous movie. I'm like, you almost had to go out of your way to have this movie here. Australian, too. It's an Australian movie. Well, that's also a weird thing is that, like, now porn is curated by the user. Uh-huh. <laughs> sure, if you want to pull up a... Yeah. I was just wondering if you guys have eaten yet. Uh, we haven't eaten dinner yet. Oh, I'm so sorry. I, I could have offered you some. Oh, I wouldn't no. have eaten that. I, I would have said no, also. Hey, guys. JD here. I'm jumping in because we had a microphone malfunction, and... Unfortunately, because of the way we recorded this one, when one microphone malfunctions, it can ruin um, the recording of both. Um, so instead of just you hearing super loud static and um, maybe a little bit of voices, uh, I'm going to do some private time. And uh, Connor's going to jump in a little bit later with his private time. So you, can look, you can look forward to that. Anyways, I thought this episode is a, it's, I think it's a fun episode. Um, I was. <laughs> I know we're always worried that the episode's not going to be good, um, but I was worried because this one seemed to fly by. Like when we only had a couple hours left, Connor and I were surprised because sometimes it feels really like a long day. Sometimes it like in the third episode, last episode, it felt like um, it felt like maybe it wasn't going to be fun because I felt like I was in a bad mood and Connor felt tired. But then it ended up being a really fun episode. And this time, because it felt so fun to us, we were worried that maybe that meant that it would actually be a bad episode. Anyways, I don't think it is. I think it's a fun one. Um, I like how many people we have on and how many different people you get to hear and talk to and listen to them talking. Uh, I think that's exciting. I really enjoy that. Um, I'm bummed that we didn't get this out in time for you guys to, you know, those of you who are in, were in New York for the Del Close Marathon, which is a improv comedy festival for those of you who don't know what that is which involves for a lot of people a lot of waiting in line we're hoping to get this out in time for people to uh listen to that while they waited but 
we couldn't because of uh you know i had to do a lot of editing for this podcast and i was just really tired in general and yeah so we had that festival this weekend it was fun um you know it was it was funny um connor and i did a lot of uh shows together this year and while we were backstage um just like hanging out watching uh watching what was going on on stage through there's backstage monitors you can watch i think it was morgan jarrett like it was sort of out of the blue but it was interesting and she goes are you guys best friends to connor and i and it was like a thing that sort of i think took connor and i aback sort of because it was like uh like a weird thing to contemplate and like neither of us wanted to like jump and be like, yeah, we're best friends or no, we're not best friends. Um, so we sort of like awkwardly paused for a second, just like looked at each other and we're like, well, uh, uh, and then Connor said it best. He was like, I think we would, we're in the best friend category, but I don't know if we are best friends. Uh, if, if I would say that JD is my best friend or that he would say that I was his best friend. Um, and it's, we, it was a weird thing to contemplate because then it, it had a start, it made us start breaking down the idea of what a best friend was and what that entailed. And the conclusion I came to as to why I wouldn't say Connor is my best friend, because obviously as you guys have seen, Connor and I get along, we spend a lot of time together, um, the one thing that I think we're missing that would make Connor my best friend is like a, uh, maybe like a shared history, right? I feel like for someone to be your best friend, you have some sort of shared history. Maybe it's a short term or long term or whatnot. And I think, you know, honestly, it's the kind of thing that maybe, maybe Connor and I will consider each other best friends. But there was an aspect of it too that was, Connor's like, well, I think like Jeff Falzone is probably my best friend just because we grew up together. And I was thinking of all of my friends that I've known for a very, very long time. And Connor and I have really only known each other for a couple years. And it's only in the last year or two years that we've really spent a lot of time together. Um, but if you ask me who my best friends were, Connor would definitely be in there. But it was a, it was a funny question to have asked to us. And it was funny that we had to pause to try to think about how to answer that question. Um, and that's something I've been thinking about a lot lately is, um, you know, I feel like I've been trying to get better at being in relationships, like, you know, romantic relationships with people. Um, cause it's something I wasn't very good at, but I'm also trying to get better at being a good friend. And by that, I mean like every spectrum of the idea of friendship, right? Cause you do have people who are your best friends or close friends, your friends, acquaintances, people you sort of know. And to be a better friend in all of those categories is actually requires a different set of skills, a different uh, amount of effort, different things that you have to do to be a good friend in those contexts. Um, like lately I've been trying to be a better friend to people who uh, I don't know very well, people who we know each other, but just sort of see each other in passing or something like that. And I think, I think with people like that, you know, anyone's life, it's very easy to, to hold someone there forever, even after you could know someone for years and years and years and never really get past that, that, that precipice of like, just sort of saying hello or nodding at someone or light casual conversation. Um, 
but I've been starting to think that that's sort of silly and cause I think, um, you know, what is, uh, what is the one thing that everyone wants to avoid? And I feel like that's at the end of end of the day, sort of loneliness and that can manifest itself in several ways. Like I think in a way creativity comes from uh, a desire to combat loneliness, right? Like you, as someone who creates stuff, you try to put stuff out into the world to try to both let other people know that how you, how they feel, uh, is something that you feel and to see if there's people who feel the way that you feel. So you create something because it's, it's a feeling that is true to you and by people taking it in and liking it, um, it's validating it on your side by saying them saying, yes, I also feel this way or I take interest in how you feel. So you feel less alone. And if you're someone who takes stuff in, like all of us are, um, you seek stuff out so that you can recognize yourself in that stuff and feel less alone or feel that even if it's things that you don't recognize, it's, it's actually also comforting and, you know, sort of fights the idea of loneliness because, um, it's letting you know that it's okay to have unique feelings and it's okay to feel ways that are sort of hard to understand. Um, so that being said, when I think about that in the context of these people that sort of I know and I like, but that I've never really spent time with or don't know past hellos, I've been trying to really reach out and become friends with them. And I'm also trying to do it in a way that makes them comfortable. Um, and I think sometimes it can weird people out or freak people out or maybe send mixed signals to people or they're confused if there's, you know... Because sometimes you can seem like a weird person by being like, hey, let's be friends. Hey, let's go do this. But after that initial, I don't know, uh, judgment that a person has, I think almost every person is happy just to be friends with people. And any time that I've spent with these people who were somewhat friends and that, that I'm trying to make closer friends has been super positive. And they're all people that I really like. And even if they're people that aren't exactly like me or... um who don't have that much in common. It's really, it's really fun to have a lot of people in your life. So that's sort of one way that I've been trying to sort of deal with that. And then, um, for people who are already my friends, I've been trying to be better about reaching out. Um, one thing I've been doing that's been actually really, really interesting and positive for me is, uh, reaching out to friends, especially friends that have moved or things like that and talking to them on the phone and trying to, like, do you remember when you used to just talk to your friends on the phone? Like, that was great. Uh, and there was, like, that moment when you're talking with your friends on the phone, a subject comes to an end, and you just sort of sit there, and you're both just listening, which is something that I think happens very rarely, especially, I think, as you become more and more of an adult, is you have less time where you're just sitting in silence, listening, waiting for the other person to say something. I feel like a lot of a lot of childhood is defined by listening because you don't have much to say as a kid. And so it's fun to talk to people on the phone, your friends, or to have sort of long, casual conversations with people where you can just listen. And there isn't stress about having to say something necessarily. Um, and then for people who are my close friends, I've been trying to um, make sure that I'm spending time with them so that it's not just a sort of... A, so it doesn't just feel like a, a ritual of friendships, that it's actually true friendships, that you're actually learning new stuff about each other. 
I don't know. That's sort of where I've been at. I think friendship is an interesting thing. But I think that goes for every relationship. But it's interesting how, you know, so much of art and, uh, you know, communication is about romantic relationships or family relationships. Um, But I think actually some interesting relationships that there are to um, work with and think about is your friends. And I think what's funny is a lot of times when we try to think of friends in terms in terms of uh, being important relationships, our only our only recourse is to define them in terms of love or family, right? Like the way that we portray friendship always gets heightened to be, oh, these are people that uh, on a certain level I am in love with, not on a certain, uh, you know, romantic sexual way, but an emotional way that it turns into love or that these people are my family, um, which sort of to me denies the idea that friendship is its own unique relationship. Um, that's something that I've been trying to think about and deal with and uh, see what comes out of that. Because, you know, isn't it strange how the only time that we, it's like, the only time, whenever we contemplate friendship, it always turns into one of those things, right? That's the end result. Oh, friendship is really like, a marriage or like dating or friendship is really like a brotherhood or, uh, you know, father and son or something. It's like, no, let's just let that relationship be what it is. Um, let it be friendship and make that as important and as meaningful and have its own folds and crevices and unique qualities to it. Now I, I'm just, I'm just pontificating as I'm reclining on my red futon couch uh, in my apartment thinking about this stuff but I think it's stuff that's important to me I'm going to check how long I've been talking so that it's not been forever um, but yeah so that's sort of the stuff that I've been thinking about lately um, I hope you guys are all doing well uh, I really appreciate that you guys listen to this podcast I think it's really interesting and really fun and um, the more time that time goes by, the more that I'm really proud of this podcast and proud of you guys for the way that you all participate in listening to it. Um, if you're someone that I know, it really means a lot when you reach out and talk to me, either about the podcast or about things in life. And if you're someone I don't know, it actually is, it's it's been meaningful when you come up and talk to me just about things in the podcast or you know, because I think now everyone, we've sort of reached this understanding of like, yeah, if, if I don't know you, then it is this this thing where, yeah, we don't know each other, but you know a lot about me. And so it's easy to relate about things because um, we do have an entry point of understanding, which is this 48 hours you've listened to of me and Connor talking. Um, it's funny in this episode... I'm on the phone a lot um, because there's a lot of work stuff going on. And when I say work stuff, what it's referring to, since I don't talk about it much in the podcast, is I work mostly as a uh, director and producer to a certain extent um, for like TV and web projects. And when I say TV, like I sort of put in air quotes right now because I don't know what to say when people ask me about it, but it's 
TV projects, but it's almost always been pilots or projects that are on the precipice of being TV shows. Um, so a lot of the phone calls that I have are talking about developing or planning for upcoming things. And so a lot of it is, um, you know, my job is to be there and be willing and able to talk both creatively and from a business perspective about what's going on. And so on this particular day, there's a lot of things happening in the professional world for me. So I had to be on the phone a lot, um, which is both good, but also, you know, stressful because it's not like any other job where I know what my hours are. I know when I'm getting a paycheck or any of that stuff. It's, uh, it's a lot of big question marks sort of in the future. And it, it really stresses me out, not in a way that's debilitating, but in a way that, you know, I don't think people realize that when they think about the entertainment industry, about how many question marks there are and how much it is just like a, a fight sort of, um, you know, it's like not, it's not too dissimilar than something like dating or relationships, right? Is you have a crush on someone or you want to date someone, right? And so you have this idea for, and that's the, that's the idea for a project. And so then you start developing it and maybe you're talking to this person or sort of testing the waters of it. And then like, that's sort of the process of developing projects, right? And then finally it gets to the point where you want to ask the person out and that's a scary process. And, um, a lot of times you don't know, like, should I ask this person out now? Cause if I do, and they say no, then it's sort of like, you can't really ask them out again. Cause I've already said no. And it's sort of the balls in their court. And that's sort of, I feel like how projects are for me right now, where it's like, you get this almost that fear of like, should I put in more work or is it time to go with this? Is it time to put it out into the world? Is it time to make it happen? And if I put it out in the world and they say no, then, then that's it. I can't do this. This project is sort of dead. Uh, and so it's just, you spend so much of your creative life hoping that someone will say yes, that you get to go out on the date. And then even at that point, it's not a sure thing. It's just a first date. And then even if the first date goes well, then the next couple of dates have to go well. They have to, they have to want to go on more dates. And then also the dates, it's different because it's not, it'd be like, you know what it is? It's like asking someone on a date, except they have to pay for it. And they have to pay like a lot of money for it. That's a hard thing to, it's a hard thing to make happen. And it's a little, a little stressful. Um, so that's sort of what I've been dealing with lately. Um, yeah, but I'm feeling confident about all of it. You know, um, it's easy in all of this too, to lose concept of sort of why I started trying to make stuff because it's, it's so focused in the commercial aspect of things. Not, not that it's like, oh, you know, uh, you're going commercial, you're selling out. But it's like the things that you have to say and the way that you can get those things into the ears and eyes of people is different from just having those feelings, right? It's like trying to talk to someone who's already angry is you can't just shout whatever it is that you want to say. You have to find a way to say it that they're going to that they're going to listen to and understand you have to say it in a way that they're not just going to shut shut out and so um in doing that sometimes you can overthink how to say those things and then sometimes you change what it is you're trying to say so right now i'm trying to make sure that i'm saying all the things that i still want to say and then also trying to figure out how to say it so that people will be able to listen um 
which sounds vague and dumb and pretentious, but uh, it is a real thing. It isn't. It isn't easy, um, and it's especially not easy because it's not. It's not like digging a hole where you can just put the shovel in and go. Um, it's a lot of stuff that happens in your head, just thinking. It's like it's like pro- computer processing time, uh, which can be stressful. Not stress. I keep saying the word stressful. It's a word that I think is overused right now. It's lost its meaning. Anxiety, stress, all of those things have just become. Words that mean discomfort. Um, and I think, you know, and that's not to say that I don't feel what those words mean. But I think so much of our life has become, or at least my life, I won't put this on you, has become, quote, stressful and has anxiety that no longer is that stress and anxiety. That's just what life is and that's just how life works. And so I'm trying to figure out what other words are. Um I guess it's more that there are things that weigh heavily on your mind, right? There are things that no matter what you're doing, you're thinking about them and contemplating them. And in doing so, you're sort of burning a lot of energy and it sort of puts your body and your feelings out of whack a bit. Um, Yeah, I don't know. And I think the thing that really balances me is talking to people. That's why I really like it if you're a friend of mine. If you're someone I know... Like call me just to talk and say hello. If you're, if and and I would recommend that you call someone and just talk to them, because you know it's all just people at the end of the day. It's people up and people down. That's sort of all. It's sort of all. Everything that we have and do is just a result of people, uh, for the most part. You can get into nature and God and all of that stuff if you're a believer in God. I hope you're a believer in nature, because if you don't believe in nature. Huh, I wonder what you, I wonder what you would believe in then. Um yeah, I don't know. I just like uh I like talking to people. I think it's grounding. I think it's important. Um and a few times you know, recently there's been some people that have just called me just to talk. And that's like a really good feeling when someone calls you to talk. You know? I think we need to do that more. I'd really encourage you to talk to someone, just even a friend. And it's you don't have to come up with an excuse. You can really, I think you can really just call someone and say, "Yeah, I just wanted to talk." And I think everyone would be down with that. Yeah, I think they would. I don't know, guys. I think I've been rambling for a while, but I think that's what my private time is about—is just sort of getting stuff out there that I'm thinking about. And maybe this is stuff that I'd be embarrassed. I'll be embarrassed that I said when uh, all is said and done, but. Right now it feels good to say it. Anyways, you know, I hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. I think right now uh, the microphone should be working again and you should jump back into the conversation. Um, I hope you enjoy this episode. I don't know, I feel like there should be more conclusion to what I said in my private time, but I, I, I don't think there has to be, right? I think I can just say those things and be done with it anyways guys i think you're great talk to your friends try to be a better friend and be okay with just being friends with people oh i just uh, it's funny i just learned a lesson in my head that i can't share with you well no i can't well it's the exact lesson i've been saying it's okay to just be friends with people and it's important to be friends with people
And you shouldn't be scared about being friends with people. So I encourage you to be friends with people. More people. Anyways, in the meantime, uh, we're back with 12-Hour Day. We're here for you. More uh, more of Connor and I talking with friends and people and stuff. And I'm glad you guys are listening. And hopefully this is uh, helping you with whatever things you're doing right now. And if there's any way we could help more, let us know. And uh, I'll see you guys on Twitter. My Twitter is at J-D-A-M-A-T-O. If you guys don't follow me on Twitter, I like interacting with you there. Or my Tumblr where you can send me questions or messages, which is justdreamingaway.tumblr.com. I say that not as really as plugs, but more just, yeah, feel free to uh, get in touch on there and follow. I think you're good people. Anyways, back into 12-hour day. Private time is over. Now back to more people. You guys are awesome. All right. See you later. That would just sound like the best. All right. I'm back in it. We may have lost a couple of minutes. Uh, just to summarize the last was, couple of minutes. Yeah, summarize like literally was just like like Austin as I heard like I was like what is? Oh. Um. But yeah. Uh, we were talking about uh, that was the week that was. Yeah. Um, you'll be able to salvage what she was saying about the shows, and then I was then we were saying that that was the week that was. Um, it's so, static. And the day today, which are both like fake satirical news shows. And they were talking about how f- funny those titles are. That was the week that was for a fake news show. is like such a uh, self-important kind of title. And that John Oliver show uh, last week tonight also has a very funny, but very dry, all very dry, yeah, very, funny very titles. Dry. Um, That's so British, you know. Yes. Um, what would be another non-fake news related thing that you would, uh, a thing that you would like to work on that no longer is a thing that anyone a completed work that if you could go back in time. Oh, uh, like Waiting for Government. Mm. I guess that's like a completed work. Yeah. But that's, I mean. Yeah. Something. Like when that, I wish they'd made more movies, that troop of people. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah, if only they had made any more movies. No, I mean, they made a few more, but like they, at a certain point they stopped. <laughs> I, know they made, I know that Christopher Guest did the Family Tree show on HBO, but it feels yeah. like all those people, like, it makes me wonder why, like, they wouldn't, like, the people in those movies wouldn't all just want to make a TV show or another movie, or if it's just, if there are business things that prevent, at yeah. a certain point, make it so hard to get stuff done that you're just like, ah, it's not worth it, yeah, we did well, it. Yeah, it seems like when you're successful, it becomes, like, hard to just keep doing, yeah. working with the same people over and over again, right? Well, also, when they first started, they're all just sort of, like, Second City people. Yeah. And then, when you do a movie that's, like, you know, a month out of the year... And they all probably did other stuff. And then as it went on, all those people in those films became more and more successful and did other stuff to the point that enough time probably went by where it was like, well, to get that back together again, it would cost too much money and too much time. Yeah. Like, what was the last one? Was the last for one? Your, for your consideration. For your consideration. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was always hoping, and that one was the closest one to it, I was always hoping that they would do one that was a film set at a film festival because the, they had Waiting for Guffman... Waiting for Guffman and A Mighty Wind both had the performance aspect. I know a lot of people prefer Best in Show. I kind of missed the performance aspect in Best in Show. Because you have the dog show, but that's different than showing these characters' creative efforts. Like seeing them put on the play or audition for the play or seeing the songs and the live performances in in, uh, A Mighty Wind. I felt like that 
you saw into deep into the characters to see what they thought art was, like yeah. what their or version. Spinal Tap. Or Spinal Tap, yeah. Uh, and I always thought like a film festival would have been a great uh, uh, template for one of their movies because you would have the Hollywood star who's like, you know, like Kevin Spacey brings a passion project to the Austin Film Festival oh, yeah. or something. But then you'd also have, so you'd have like one. You could imagine like Michael McKeon playing like. A, a prestige movie star who's got the film he directed, yeah. or the, and then you could also have like the the upstart filmmaker who has like the no budget movie that got it. Like you have so many different kinds of films at a festival. This is a bit of a pivot, but um, you just said passion project, and I just remind because I just saw this last night. Have you seen like that new Blackbeard show with John Malkovich? I haven't seen it. I haven't even heard of this. What is it's it? On it's on NBC. Like, I missed when it premiered, so I've been waiting to catch up until all these other things. I mean, I, d- I don't recommend it, but it's 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 weird. Like he is, he's he like he's such an amazing actor. Uh huh. But in this context, it's so weird. Now let me ask this because Malkovich is an actor that operates in a couple different modes in movies. Yeah. And. There's a difference between, like, if you look at the... Anytime he's been in a movie that, like, Gary Sinise has directed, he shows up and he's making a real effort because he, it's his friend and longtime collaborator from Steppenwolf Theater Company. So, the, the, like, if you see the... Can of, you name some of Of them? Mice and Men. Oh, okay. uh, and he had a cameo, I think, in another Sinise movie. But you can tell, if you see the, the Of Mice and Men movie with Malkovich and Gary Sinise, it's like Malkovich shows up with his A game for that performance. It means a lot to him. Then you, if you see, like... There was a TV movie in the 90s that they did an adaptation of Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness, mm-hmm. and he played Kurtz, basically, at the end of it, like the part that in, in like, uh, Apocalypse Now, like the Brando part. You know, yeah, the, yeah. And, uh, and I was so excited to see, Marlon, uh, see uh, John Malkovich do this character. And then when you watch the movie, he like sleepwalks through it, and you can tell, like, oh, it's just like a paycheck movie. He doesn't yeah. really care about this. There's a lot of, because he lives in Europe, he does a lot of movies that like come, go straight to DVD that are financed and made in Europe where they'll just get Malkovich and you can tell he doesn't really care about the movie. Yeah. It's just, there was actually a series of car commercials that he did in Europe that were for the web uh, where he played like a priest trying to do an exorcist on this car or something. And they weren't meant to be comedic. They were meant to be like evocative and like dark and sexual but it was just like him like trying to perform an exorcism on this like car that turns into like a jungle cat or something and it was i don't think you can find these online anywhere it was like on a dedicated it was on like a dedicated website they were a little bit boring i'm making them sound more fun than they were (laughs) but you're watching them just be like this is just a weird like watching someone do a paycheck job and so my question about Blackbeard is, does it look like he's trying or having fun, or does it look like he's just like, I guess NBC wants me to do this movie, so I'm doing it. You know what? I That's even hard for me to answer yeah. now. Like, I would say he was, like, overacting, and I don't know whether that's... I don't... Is that... That maybe is... I don't know. My favorite... One of... Like, he, like, he, to me, it felt like he thought it was going to be... It feels to me like he thinks it's going to be better than what it is. Like, uh-huh. it felt like he was acting as though the people around him were going to be like this big. Yeah. And they're no, it's not. He's got a weird accent in it, right? Yeah, it's yeah. Weird, or at least it's weird to see him yeah. with an accent. Yeah. One of my favorite John Malkovich performances, it's in a movie I really adore. I love the movie Rounders. Oh, I've seen it. Um, Matt Damon and Ed Norton. 
and John Malkovich plays this character named... Uh, have you ever seen it, J.D.? No. John Malkovich plays this character called, named... Uh, Wait, what movie? Rounders. Oh, yeah, I've seen Rounders. Okay, so Teddy KGB. He's this Russian right, right, right. Yes, 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 mafioso. Yes. And he has a ridiculous tell. There's a plot point in the movie. But John Malkovich's performance is so amazingly, ludicrously over the top. And he got a lot of bad reviews for it. But I actually think it's entirely intentional on his part. And I think he plays the character... This is my interpretation of the performance. I think he plays the character as someone who hates speaking English so much that he is, like, making fun of it as he's speaking it, <laughs> almost like to insult the listener who can't understand his Russian. But a lot of his things are like... Like, the lines would be like, It's a new day, and you're not going to be pushed around. Like, he just does this, like, weird, like, almost Inspector Clouseau version yeah. of a Russian accent. But... Uh, like, there's a moment in that... Do you remember the moment where he's, like... Uh, he's taunting Matt Damon, and he goes, right. from the last time I'm uh, sticking it in you. And then he does this, like, weird chicken movement, miming as if he's right. fucking Matt Damon. Yeah. Uh, the whole movie's strange, though. It's a weird movie. I like that movie, though. Ed Norton's great in it. Yeah. See it, guys. It's a movie about poker. But you I'm don't not, need to know I, anything about poker. I don't even know. I can't play poker. I can't play poker. I love movies about poker, and I intentionally don't learn how poker works, and it doesn't change my enjoyment of movies about poker, because if it's a good movie, they'll convey the important dramatic beats, and then I kind of like the mystery of, like, at the moment in the movie, they were like, I've got three queens, and then everyone reacts, and you know, like, oh, no, that's bad. <laughs> I like the feeling of, like, these moments happen in movies, and I'm, like, a half beat behind, mm -hmm. where I'm like... Not so fast. I've got a diamond and two jacks. And then you're like, oh man, is it, is it oh, must be bad or good, I don't know. Oh, it was bad. It was bad. Is it, is it diamond and two jacks? Something? It almost makes me want to write a poker movie that would be just like my version of like, I think I understand how it works. <laughs> where there'd be reveals where anyone who knows how to play cards would be like, wait, no, what's happening? Like, looks like I've got a one and a three. Sorry, suckers. <laughs> <laughs> I guess hearts are kings today. Yeah. And it's like, ah, <laughs> <you> <laughs> <bastard>. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so Blackbeard is your summer TV pick. No, I'm not. I your not, favorite no. show this summer is Blackbeard. Passion Pro no. This segment is called Passion Projects. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and your recommendation for any of our listeners and viewers, check out NBC's Blackbeard. It's not called Blackbeard. Do you have to? What's it called? Some Watch NBC's Blackbeard. I think it is called Blackbeard. By. No, I think it's something Blackbeard's like Ghost? Blackbones. Blackbones. Black, uh, Slackbones. Oh, I really can't. I think it's something with bones in it for some reason. <laughs> Blackbones. Did you find it? You I think that? it's Blackbeard on NBC. Crossbones. Let's tell you right. <laughs> 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 I've proven wrong so quickly. <laughs> well, he plays Blackbeard. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. But he has a white beard, right? <laughs> Yeah. It's not even like you would think if your name was Blackbeard and your hair went white, you'd be like, next ship we rob, we get some ink or dye or something. <laughs> I can't, I don't like, because if you were fighting Blackbeard and he was white, a real easy taunt would be, hey, Whitebeard. And he'd be like, don't kill me, the Yeah, and then he would torture him. Or Does he like, torture characters? Is he, is yeah, he like Jack Bauer of the Seas? Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess he is, he is. Yeah, he, he's, a, he's, a, he's a killer. He's pretty, uh. pretty insane. 
Man. Well, uh, do you have any other uh, hot summer picks for our listener viewers? Uh, hot summer picks from Sarah Hot Brown. summer new. Uh, what, what's going on in the culture? So, Crossbones on NBC. Crossbones. Do you have to, do you um, have to you watch, can I this? No, no. Do you have to watch the episodes in order, or can you just pick up with a new I episode? I only watched Okay, but it's good even if you just watch two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great. great. Now, what, was you, what did you just see? Um, the other thing I just saw, the now, now canceled show, I Want to Marry Harry. I watched it. Oh, it's a reality show, right? It's a reality show. It was canceled midway through the season. Where after it's, episode four. It's supposed like, they have a fake Prince Harry, right? Yeah, they have a guy impersonating Prince Harry, mm-hmm. and these women think they're just on a regular, like, bachelor-type dating show. Mm-hmm. And then they start dropping hints that this is somebody huge, and then they all like through these context clues start being like is it Harry and then like the thing that's funny is that they don't admit that like it's all all on Hulu now also and they never explicitly say it's Prince Harry they don't say it the four episodes that aired on TV they don't explicitly say it it was not till the fifth episode which is they didn't get didn't make it air did it make it to Hulu did it make it to Hulu it's on Hulu the whole series is on Hulu the whole series is on Hulu but it never made broadcast it never made broadcast but the fifth episode, they do straight out say it. But do you get to Sarah. some closure at the end of the season, the yeah, full series? you know what? I'm, this is... Don't spoil it for I our... I won't spoil it. I say spoil it like, if you want. All right, yeah, spoil it. <laughs> I mean, we're really going to no. be worried about spoiling it. I found the ending to be pretty touching. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in what way? I'm so curious. Because... Oh, wait, wait. Can we... First, can we... We guess what they're ending. Let's re- let's offer three options for what the ending was. <laughs> okay, and you tell us which one was the closest. All right. Okay, my guess is uh, no. We'll act oh. them out. Oh. Or unless you, know, you want to verbalize your guess, and I'll act out mine. Okay, so I guess the the scene that they're playing that that we're playing is like the final person is picked. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, who do you want to be? Sounds um, like you have a specific angle we want to take. No, not for your take on it. I don't. Well, I'll be whichever whoever you want me to be. Um. Let's do I mean, your take first. Let's do your take all first. Right. Uh, all right. Um, what's your character's name going to be, do you think? Uh, Rachel. Rachel? Yeah. I want, I want to say, do I choose you? Oh, my God. I'm going to be a princess. No, no. No one ever said that. No one ever said that. I know. No one ever promised me that. No one promised now you that. No, it's coming true. No, it's not coming true. I'm not <laughs> Prince Harry. My name You're just Harry is to me. Joe Bowles. And I am American, and I am uh, an electrician. I make a good living, but I'm not royalty. I'm just a normal person. Stop. Oh, my God. No. You're being so good. I'm not. Right. Don't Harry, touch you're me. You're being hilarious. I Harry. touch you. What? I touch you. You don't touch me. Oh, look at my wrist. Let me go. You, I'm going to teach you what's real. <laughs> okay, that's one, that's one take wow. on it. <laughs> that's what Sarah thinks is really touching. Wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. now, okay. Okay, now who should I be in, when we act at your uh, snare? Uh, be, um... Ashley. I'm Ashley? Yeah. Oh my god, I'm so nervous. Ashley, I've got something I need to tell you. <laughs> he also, he's, got, he's got like a, a, a non- <laughs> northern accent. Yeah, northern. I've got something I need to tell you. I've got something I need to tell you. I've got something I need to tell you, Ashley. Oh my god. Am I the, I'm the only girl left. Am I the one you're choosing? I'm not really Prince Harry. What? But We've been doing some research, eh? Oh, my. And you are a princess. Wait, how's that even possible? Every one of the women here has been a princess all along. Wait. And now I'll become a prince, sorry, mate. 
<laughs> Just because I'm marrying you. No, wait. How am I a princess? <laughs> I've also turned into Michael Caine as this is happening. Explain how I'm a princess. All of you women. <laughs> wait, all of us? Every one of you women in your past have all been orphans. Let go of my wrist. <laughs> orphans. And now you're... F- you're fucking my orphans now. Wait, you can't say that. Oh, is this on Hulu? <laughs> a meta. Okay. All right, and then the third scenario. The third scenario um, is. Uh, who who am I? Uh, <laughs> oh, here, I'll, be, here. I'll be Prince Harry. And, okay, and then um, I'll have also something. Right, love. <laughs> Tom, Tom for choosings. <laughs> I'm going to choose someone, and I think it might be you. Are you choosing me? Yeah, I'm choosing you to be my lady love. Well, I've got something to tell you, Harry. Wait, what? Is that I know you're not the real Prince Harry. Because I'm the real Prince Harry. Holy moly. Take off this wig. I thought you had a weird vagina. <laughs> Take off these fake breasts. And look at me in the eyes. Right. That's me. Let go, That's me, let Prince go Harry. Let go my wrist. Huh? Harry, let go my wrist. It's me, Prince Harry. <laughs> Okay, so which of those three well, scenarios was it is, most can like? Can I pick none of them? No, oh, you have to pick one was like, most like. What is the most one like. is it most like? Oh, God. So the, to recap those three scenarios, the first one was, yeah. I'm not Prince Harry, I'm an American electrician. And then, and then grabbing wrists. Uh, <laughs> all scenarios had grabbing wrists. <laughs> so that was the first scenario. The second scenario was, uh, you all, everyone was a princess. princess. And the third scenario was that the woman he picked turned out to be Prince Harry. Um, I guess Wait, the first one. Instead of describing hey. it. Hey. Oh, hey, that's good. Instead of describing what actually happened, do you want to act it out? Does. Um, we'll be, what should we be? be? You'll have to be Prince Harry. Okay, we'll be Prince Harry. And should I be the host then? No, we'll both we'll be, Prince, both Harry. be Prince, Harry. <laughs> Prince Harry. I'm right. going to be, my name's Kimberly, first of all. Okay, Kimberly. And I'm also going to be the butler, so like, don't be confused when all right. I'm also playing the butler. Okay. okay. Now, in our defense, we were not told that the butler was a key player in our scenarios, and that probably could have turned the tide. I think I probably would have had a lot more bl- butler, butler influence. Certainly a lot more butler. All right, ready? Okay. All right, Kimberly. We choose you. Oh, my God. I, do you really mean it? Oh, my God. I'm, I'm so excited. I, oh, my God. This means so much to me, Harry. We are so happy. Excited. You look like you look like you have something else you want to tell me. Yes, yes we, we do. do. <laughs> what, what what is it? We, we are Prince, Prince Harry, Harry at all. At all. You're not Prince Harry. No, yeah. not no, even not a little even. bit. Hey, I don't care. What? What? But. But, but the whole reason you did this is that, oh, no, wait, what? No, let go of my wrist. Let go of my wrist. Let go of my wrist. Oh, hey. Hey. Uh, you, uh... Butler. It's a butler. You accepted, you accepted uh, him for his uh, being himself. And you were not taken by his fake royalty. Yeah, that's true. Here's $250,000 for the both of you. Oh, my God! This is great. great. Because I'm, I'm not. not. <laughs> <laughs> Constructive. 
construction work. That's actually what they kept showing him as a construction worker, but when I looked it up online, his job was just that he was a hairy impersonator. <laughs> but they like made it out that he was like really a construction worker. I don't know. Right. Probably because his job like was he just did it that just yeah, and then like once he did like a landscaping job, yeah, like exactly. we'll we'll make that your we'll make that we'll make that gothy. So isn't that so touching though? Wait, yeah. but I that doesn't make sense to me because the entire it's not like one of those things. It's not like Joe well, Millionaire. The start from the, yeah, well, it's the start of the show they they don't know they don't like they go into the show not thinking it's Prince Harry. Yeah, right. But at least with like Joe Millionaire, right? The joke, the like. The conceit was like, we actually, this guy's a millionaire, but he's really just like a construction worker. Yeah, no, and no, you right. fall in love with this person. With this, it's not, you think this guy's royalty, but it turns out that he's normal. It's, you think this guy is a different person. You think this is Prince right, Harry. Right, But I think, I think, and this is why I didn't think it worked, but then at the ending, I felt like it did work. Because I think she was like, like the, the prim, it's for her to be like, you know, I don't care because, like, I love this person in front of me. Yeah. And I don't care if you're not this famous royal person I thought you were. Yeah. It's also not like he was being, he was being, like, paid to trick her. It wasn't like he was being malicious on his own. Right, but did he actually show any of his true self throughout the thing? I mean, I guess he, I mean, talking to him all the time, that was, that was, he was, like, making up things, but it was still, like, him. They were making out with him. You know, they're hooked, that's who, they're hooked. They weren't hooking up with but him. He, he, doesn't he, know he was British, though? He was British? He was British. So, I mean, the weird thing is... What if is, you were dating someone for a long time, and then they were like, oh, all these things I told, about you, told you about my past, these details were a lie. Yeah. I still love you. Right. Here's $250,000 for both of you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, that was the other wonderful thing, because if she had not said no, fuck you, and they wouldn't have gotten the money. It, what, what did they want? Like, what did the showrunners want? I don't because, that's like, if the outcome had been what? Well, why has everyone been acting like he is? <laughs> right, that's what. I, we haven't. Wait, what's the name of the show? Well, that was just like they, he picked the perfect girl because yeah. you're like, there's this one kind of like, I don't know, damaged, yeah. stupid. <laughs> yeah, like a little, like more like down to earth, like. Like beaten down to just like life's giving her like, like I'll take anything dumb. life gives me. <laughs> like it was, she was not the type of girl you expected to see on the show as much, I guess. And it was one of those that like, the whole time you hoped she was going to be the one because she seemed the most likely to be like really not care about yeah. the royalty thing. But it almost like, feels like like the sketch version of that would be like there'd be ten more reveals about like not only is he not the prince he's a convicted felon <laughs> I don't care I love him no but you understand like everything he told you has been a lie here's a video of him laughing about his friends I don't care I love him I love him yeah. like where it's like I, I love the man in front of me not any of the things he said yeah, not, yeah, yeah. I love the man also, sitting here right now also not, he's wearing prosthetic mask yeah. like he yeah. looks like this actually this I is don't care did, I, I love I him I did forget to that she did ask. But you're really British, right? She did ask that. Yeah. I think that was important to her. And since he still had a... I, it would have been great if... It would have been great if she'd said, I don't care, I love him. But you are really British, right? <laughs> nope, I'm a yank. Uh, if at that point like, she'd oh. been like, mm, deal's yeah. off. I don't love him anymore. Yes. Uh, um, it does seem weird. It seems like a weird, like, what did they want? Because she doesn't know the show is called I Want to Marry Harry. What does she right. think the show's called? I, I can't remember what 
they thought the show was called. They might not have told you, but um, that's the thing. That's why I like. I like well, the I assume they had a working title where like this show's going to be called Dating Show, or you know, Blue Harvest. It was literally the best possible ending for like the best outcome for the show. Because I was wanted to watch it just because I was like, there's no way this is a good ending. There's no way. Well, I think the ending that they probably wanted was the nightmare of the girl being like, I'm going to be a princess. And then it's all taken away from her. And yeah. then she like has like a breakdown because it's like all this stuff in front but of her. See, like Joe Millionaire, they're tricking. Like it's it's there's something more mean about the trick, and the fact that she didn't care about it was the best possible. Yeah, outcome, that's what I mean. It was the most it's uplifting outcome. Yeah, it's the most positive outcome. Yeah. Right, but that's like I feel like most people would have been. But they wouldn't. Like but, so dumb to be but, tricked. But the, I bet you the CD producers were probably happy to have an uplifting outcome. But I bet they also would have been happy if she'd had a fucking freak out on the set and like, and like, yeah, like thrown yeah. everything over. I actually think the best possible outcome would have been the reveal that the girl was Prince Harry. Yeah, no, no, no. But I love that one. I think that one would have been the like, especially if it had been a trick on the show, right. like that the showrunners um, didn't know that it was that, like that Prince Harry great. the whole time had been tootsieing it, pulling a Dorothy Michaels, and then they get gay married on the show. Mm-hmm. I thought that I was, it's funny because when I was, we were, I was watching with my roommate and we were like, the ultimate trip would be the, to us that this really is Prince Harry. Yeah. That would have been funny. Yeah. Or that the butler was Prince Harry. Oh, yeah. Never yeah. cast an eye at the servants, did you? <laughs> um, yeah, there's some like. Mm, like if they said like, you can either marry, choose Prince Harry or the butler. I was just like, no, I want to marry Prince Harry. And then they reveal like, you've chosen poorly. For I am the real Prince Harry. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a good idea. And now well. you must marry a convicted serial murderer. Yeah. Okay, I love him. <laughs> yeah, but it was fun watching like the dumb bitchy girls be tricked. That was fun. So that's on Hulu. That's on Hulu. Regular Hulu, or do you have to sign up for Hulu Plus oh, well, to get that? I don't know. I have Hulu Plus. You have Hulu Plus, so you probably don't have an awareness. It's like I don't even know. What you I don't know yet. what you're getting. And that other people can't get. I really don't. You're just in there. You have full access. Yeah. Uh, Sarah, full access, Bert. Yeah, I don't have cable, so you know. Well, you got Hulu Plus, though. You can get any TV show no, on there, no, right? No, no. How would you recommend Hulu Plus? Um, I for people who don't have cable. See, I sort of draw the line. I had to draw the line at a certain point because I started joining up. Like I have Netflix Instant. I do too. Uh, I recently had to catalog all my HBO subscriptions. Go. HBO Go. I have cable. Uh, uh, I can watch things that are on uh, See, Prime funny. streaming. On I, forgot, I forgot the DVD. What? He's going to return that today. Oh, well, too bad. You'll have to... <laughs> he has... Don't judge him. We both are on the DVD plan. No, shut up. We both are. No, shut up. There's things you can't no, get on streaming. Guys, shut up. What? There's what? things you can't get. That you can't download illegally? Like, there's this one documentary that I've had for six years that I couldn't get on streaming. I don't want to say what it is, is it because it's embarrassing. It's one of those porno documentaries. I don't know. I don't. No, they'd they have don't. a separate they section, not. wouldn't they? they? Like there'd be <laughs> DVD kids and pornos. Like there'd be like four links at the top Netflix, of the site. If Netflix, if Netflix had, you would. Yeah, no doubt. Like it, it's all that would be so funny because you share like you you sharing with your parents. You like go yeah. and see recently watched. You know what they were into. You know, you wouldn't be able to unknow what you would know from that right. from that cue. Um, and then you like or like you would like do a good job covering your tracks, and like your parents would look through it and be like, because of your interest in sadomasochistic uh, like female dominance, like. <laughs> 
It's like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> we recommend damages with Glenn Close. Yeah. <laughs> we recommend 102 Dalmatians. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I want to see that lawyer push people around. Yeah. Um, if Netflix had a porn section, that would be the most popular service in all of media. That probably itself would be like why Netflix would have to be fighting Verizon. For, yeah, for net neutrality uh, right. special deals. Um, what I was saying before was that I, I belong to so many of those things that I really can't like justify getting Hulu Plus because it's sort of like, like it would be convenient. Like if, if money was no object, I would just be like, sure, yeah, I belong to it all. But I've kind of maxed out on yeah, the number yeah, of things honest, I can. I think this is like my roommate's parents' account. All right. I have Amazon Prime. Me too. Yeah, I also use my parents' Amazon Prime. I don't actually, I actually don't pay for anything now that I think Really? Yeah. I'm using other people's for everything. I have someone else's HBO Go. Yeah, yeah, my, my parents' HBO Go. And Jason, then I also Dave. realized, through, now that I have their password name, yeah. I could do, like, I watch the World Cup, like, by logging into the ESPN app, and I could watch the World Cup games. I used and my I sister. Yeah. Is this the segment of the show where we just confess to crimes? These are crimes. crimes. Fraud. Embezzlement. <laughs> Identity theft. Let's do it. Let's, you, let's make this a segment of the show where we confess to crimes. Um, what crimes have you committed? None knowingly. That can't be true. Uh, some torrenting. No, I know for a fact. Yeah. What? Yeah, I know for a fact a bunch of <laughs> crimes you committed. Like what? Torrenting. Yeah. Prove it. Um, yeah, I could. You everyone, asked, you asked everyone, me earlier today. Oh, yeah. Everyone has committed that crime. Wait, is there another crime? Um, yes, I can probably think of other crimes that you've committed. Yeah. For what? Marijuana. Never have. Nope. Never yeah. have. Never have. I got hotboxed once. That's not my fault. Wait, really, really? For really, really? Uh, uh, when I was doing a tour code in Alaska, um, the people on that tour code kept... Uh, I, was the, I was driving the van, and they kept wanting to light up, and I kept joking that they were all trying to hotbox me. Because oh. uh, everyone else on the tour was smoking marijuana, but I wasn't. I, never, I have never smoked marijuana. Not once. Do you not like smoking? Uh, no, it's just not for me. I don't like smoking. Yeah. Um, yeah, I... What about brownie? You never eaten a brownie? I've eaten, yeah, I've eaten brownies, but not with marijuana in them. <laughs> That's a fair answer. I, I, ate, I, ate, I was at a, uh, an engagement party yesterday, and I ate so many brownies that uh, I started I having to... There. Were you there? Yeah. We didn't talk. No, we didn't talk. I ate so many brownies that I had to start doing it secretly because when I got my second brownie, Noah Foreman said, like, oh, you have another brownie? I'm like, yeah. I was just, like, ashamed. I so then five cookies, and I wrapped them in napkins, and I put them in my purse. Um, these aren't, these are, we've gone from uh, um, crime confessions to more, like, just, like, eating disorders um, and... Uh, Body issues. No, because I don't normally have brownies, and those are like kind of like homemade tasting brownies. And the thing is, like, I can't really have those because the only way I would have those is if I bought a thing of brownie mix and made brownies, and then the thing that would happen next is I would eat all of those brownies. <laughs> like, I don't have the ability to buy. Good, how are you? Uh, I don't have the ability to buy a box of like Duncan Hines brownie mix, go home, make the brownies, and be like, oh, now I have brownies for two weeks. 
Yeah, no, that's too hard. I would be like... You need to bring him to a party and share. I don't party. Johnny, you can drive. Um, we're, we're talking... We're, we're talking crimes. Talking what? Right now we're talking crimes and then turn into just like food. These, these food, are food issues. Crimes. Food crimes. Um, yeah, we are just doing food crimes now. So, so like if I were to make brownies at home, then I would just eat, I would, then I would just be like, oh, I'm going to watch Game of Thrones and eat all these brownies. Yeah. And so I can't do that. That's just like a bad, it's an easy choice not to make, to be the grocery store and be like, I can't eat a whole box of brownies. Do you do a cookie dough, too? I do that for sure. Because I like, yeah. every now and then I'll, I'll do the, you know when you just like cut them off and bake them? It's oh, like, no doubt. Yeah. and I'll do that and then be like, oh, I'm going to eat these all in like a day. Like, why am I doing this to myself mm-hmm. since I'm just going to eat them in a day and I don't have the self-control to like not do, you, do that. Do you know what the beautiful mix between the raw and the cooked is? Put them in the oven for like three minutes, pull them out. Baby, <laughs> and you can have those all yourself because nobody wants to eat that. That's all for yeah. you, right? You know, just like West Dining Hall. <laughs> I used to just buy the roll of cookie dough and I just eat that. Yeah, no, that's a, my problem. Too. And I would be sad. I would be sad because it's really good. I was always taught at a young age not to eat raw cookie dough. I was told that, and I remember just not caring and continuing because it was like nothing's happening to me. Nothing. Has anyone you know ever experienced a side effect from raw cookie dough? Nobody. Nobody. It's a myth. It's a myth just like to stop kids from becoming like succumbing to sloth extremely quickly. (laughs) No, it's like like, people are just eating raw cookie dough. I consider it's like eating. um, It's like the equivalent of eating like orange juice concentrate. Like, it's not a problem. Like, you, it, it's just concentrated that might, cookies. That, that might make you sick. I, I feel like I told this story on our last episode, but I, I once, uh, my mom had these, like, vitamin C tablets that were, like, orange flavored, and they, like, tasted really good. Tastes <laughs> like candy. <laughs> and, like, she would give me, like, I'd have one with breakfast forever, and then I was, like, super young. And one day I was like, I'm going to have a bunch of these. And, like, I ate a bunch of them. And I got, like, super sick to my stomach. So it's just, like, overdose of vitamin yeah. C, which is, like, your body, like, doesn't absorb it. So it just turns doesn't into, like... It. You won't get scurvy, though, right? Yeah, right. for life, then you're set. Yeah. I don't have to have vitamin C ever again, and I'm fine. Um, and I think you did tell that story, and I think it probably tr- no, did trigger this story, which was... And this is just oh, a story of how stupid I am. This is also a sad story. This is sad. I remember this story specifically. That I uh, thought um, the, uh, when I was a kid, I had Flintstones. I would get Flintstones vitamins. Those are the best ones. I yeah. still use those. Yeah, That's you have yeah. to say. <laughs> it's really good for you. They're good. Well, I had such fond memories of them that one time I was going to the movies and I thought, oh, I, instead of getting candy to sneak in the movies, I'm just going to get some Flintstones vitamins to snack on those. <laughs> Because they're like candy. And I went to the movies and I started yeah. snacking on Flintstones vitamins. It was like a certain amount of calories each. Yeah, they're like 30 calories each or something. Um, but more than that, they're not candy. I think the calories are the issue. I think it's like the overdose of tons I, of vitamins. I don't know. I think the calories are the issue. Like, well, it's also the fact that they're not, like, it's the difference between uh, having, something, having something that you're meant to eat one of yeah. and it's a vitamin, but it's like compensating for the take your medicine by a little spoonful of sugar sort of thing yeah. where it's like oh it looks like a fun character and then it tastes kind of okay I mean they taste pretty irony it, 
Yeah, that's it's the thing that... that you like them enough to have. No, I, imme- I immediately realized upon eating, like, like, I took three and, like, popped them in. And then I was immediately like, oh, they're, like, chalky. They're, like, <laughs> it's, like... Well, I have, a, I have a, t- a psychological trick, sort of, which is that, um, like, one of my dad's favorite candies... He, my dad loves Twizzlers. And I'm not really... I'm, I don't consider Twizzlers to be a top-tier candy. Uh, they're top tier. I don't consider them top tier. Well, okay. Well, they are. Well, you're, you're wrong. <laughs> well, here's what I think, though. I don't dislike them, but try this trick the next time you're eating them. Like, if they're candy, I eat Twizzlers, I'm like, these are good, these are fine. But now imagine that they're not candy, but that they're soap or candles that are, like, <laughs> scented. And if it was, like, a, like, candle wax, it was, like, cherry scented or something like that, and then you ate it, you'd be like... This actually is really edible. Like, this is really good. Like, for wax, it's, like, gr- like greatest wax to eat. In the world of candy, I think it's maybe second tier. But if you pretend that it's not something that's supposed like to be it's edible... it's just across the line into candy, but mm-hmm. it's so close still to its, it's like forefathers the, it's like the equivalent of like It's like the equivalent of, like, political attractiveness. Like, a politician, if a politician is just not unattractive... Then they're like, oh, he's like Robert Redford, you know, or something like that. But if like, if like John Edwards had tried to be an actor in Hollywood, he would not have been a leading man. But when he ran, but when he ran for president, they're like, oh my God, he's like a heartthrob. Mm-hmm. Or like Bill Clinton, they're like, he's so sexy. But if if Bill Clinton wasn't a politician, he wasn't president. Right, and but it's like call for leading men, and Bill Clinton showed up. Bill Clinton like, showed up. Would be like, no, you're gonna play the doing? cop's dad or something yeah. like that. However, if Mitt Romney showed up, that's a leading man. Um, right I think that's beyond political attraction. I think, yeah, I think he you got would... a big Romney thing. <laughs> yeah, she's huge. Did you see? Did the... you see the documentary? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, pretty yeah. good. It it's... makes him somewhat likable. Right, but is that's the whole point of it, right? Is I would still say, I would still to make him likable yeah, yeah. so that he can go for another presidential run. I would still say, <laughs> I would still say that for, you're right about Romney on the political attractiveness. He's like he could get in the room for a leading man, but he's kind of like a weird Don and Draper. No, even if you could act it, he's like, if he was Don Draper, you'd think Don Draper was a little bit weird looking. You know what I mean? He looks a little bit like if you put, if you put Don Draper in the microwave for like five seconds, then you get Mitt Romney, right? right like if, if you put, it's like you put Don Draper in the microwave, like, oh my God, I'm not supposed to microwave that. And yeah. Then you take, you're like, take oh, my, no. Is he's it, not, uh, he's not, yeah. he's not ruined. By being in there. He's yeah. not ruined. He's still, it's still a leading man, but he's a little, he looks more like, do you ever watch Friday Night Lights? Yeah. yeah. Remember J.D. McCoy, the, uh, the, the, quarterback in a later season who the dad is like a rich asshole. I only saw season two and gave up. Does he come later? I that, saw the last seasons. He's in seasons oh three and four. Um, but he's kind of a... <laughs> and he, that kid just follows the trend of JDs and things being unlikable. Well, I think... He, uh, um, I can't remember if J.D. McCoy was the quarterback wannabe, the, the kid, or the, whether it was the dad. He was the kid. He was the kid. Yeah, the dad was like... But get in there, JD. Yeah. yeah. But you, would, you, you, you so you know the actor I'm talking about. That's yeah. kind of like a Mitt Romney type where he's good looking, but maybe a little bit either goofy on the positive side of it or sinister on the villain side of it. You know, the moment that I found really intriguing in that movie um, is when he has the debate where he's, he's insisting that Barack Obama never said that uh, Benghazi was an act of terror. And then the moderator calls him on it, that he did say it was an act of terror. And then afterwards, um, you see him hanging out with the family. 
and he's just lost a debate based on being wrong about something, and they get into that argument about what restaurant is in which terminal at, at LaGuardia Airport, right. or JFK Airport or something, and one of his sons, one of his like grown or teenage sons, is like arguing like, no, it's in Terminal B, and he's like, no, I'm pretty sure it's in this terminal or something, and then it turns out that the son is right, and Romney was wrong about it, and then the son is like, in your face, like, I was right. And I'm watching him just like, oh, like, he doesn't need that. He just, like, lost a nationally televised debate based on something like this. You can, like, let your dad, like, not be taunted. All the kids yeah. seem sort of out of touch, though, in that doc. Like, yeah. they all seem very, like, had this, like, arrested development thing where it was, like, they were, like, grown-ups but, like, still felt like they were, like, 11-year-olds. Yeah. Where, like, they're always, like, trying to be right about stuff, like, arguing. It was sort of like, you've sort of been in some, so long, Ian, like some weird like life bubble that's kept you from having to like experience true mature adulthood. Yeah. It's very strange. I want to make a recommendation if you like the Romney documentary, yeah. if you can find this, I'll look and see if it's online. I recommend it's this the HBO constant. doc Bellevue. Uh, yeah. it's, that's a great doc. Uh, it's the uh, uh, Temple Grandin, the HBO <laughs> movie. Uh, no, I've never seen it. I'm very scared. Um, um Spike Jones made a documentary about Al Gore in 2000. Yeah, if you if you just Google Al Gore Spike Jones J O N Z, you'll see it's a 13 minute video um, that I believe it was commissioned in 2000 for the Democratic National Convention, and I believe if they'd shown it on TV instead of just showing it to the they showed it just to the people who were in the convention hall. So it's like those people are already going to vote for Al Gore. They've shown yeah. up to the Democratic National Convention. Yeah. There's no one left to convince them. There's no one in there who's like, maybe Bush. Um, this documentary is basically just like Spike Jones hung around with Al Gore and his family at their like summer home or something, or like their, their like vacation home. And, it, and they just like, he just captured like relaxed human moments, which was the one thing that the Gore campaign was really like lacking. Because uh, everyone thought that like George W. Bush was like a relatable, you'd have a beer with him. Yeah. And the most amazing sequence. Have I talked about this before, JD? I've seen it though. Yeah. yeah. The sequence where it's like movie night, and right. Al, Al Gore brings out these uh, D, a stack of DVDs, and he and his wife and his daughters are gonna like decide a movie, and the daughter's like, "Oh God, like Dad always makes us like go through all the movies and like vote." Yeah. And he's, he's, like, like, he's like, "All right, first, like." He's like, uh, "The Patriot." Mm, I'm not too crazy about that one. Uh, and he was like putting that in yeah. the maybe pile. He's like, and nah, I'm not in the mood for a comedy. And, a, and yeah. at one point, he's like the clumps, and he kind of makes a face yeah. like he doesn't want to watch the clumps. And they're going through and like, oh, I heard this was good. And the daughters are just like, ah. and he, to him, it's like it's time for the family to vote on these movies <laughs> and decide like which ones they're gonna we're gonna watch as a family. And he's also sort of doing it with like a certain sense of like. He knows it's like frustrating his daughters a little bit that and he's, he's like doing it. He's taking a little pleasure from right. it. It's so sweet. Even then, he realized the importance of voting and vote counting. Yeah, that's definitely. Yeah, that's that right. Yeah. yeah. Did they uh, discount the votes at all? I don't count? think you saw the end of. I don't. Oh, wow. I did, they don't reveal what movie got picked. Oh wow, that's probably um, the best. Bushwhacked. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but then. Uh, there's a great sequence at the end of it where it's like he's staying up late in his study and he's just talking. Spike Jones doesn't ever... You hear him, I think, every now and then off camera. It's just basically Spike Jones with this, like, personal camera. And it's late at night and Al Gore is telling this story about, like, this guy that he knew once who, like, called, uh, contacted him and asked for, like, a recommendation or something. And he, like, he could tell from the guy's letter that this guy had never really gotten, like, a proper education, that, that it was, like... 
this guy's probably not going to get a fair shake. Like, even if I recommend him for the job, like, he hasn't been given the tools that he needed to do well in society. And he said, that's what government's supposed to do. Like, we need to make it so that if government can help, like, this is a good guy. And he should, there should be ways of making it possible for him to get further than he's probably going to get the way our society is built. Yeah. And he tells this whole story, and it's very, doesn't feel like, you know, when the politicians make those speeches and they're like, there's a woman here named Marsha Norman, yes. and she, you know, and, and it, yeah. even if it's genuine, it's so far into the pageantry that it doesn't feel real. Yeah. This just felt like he was just talking about a guy that he knew once and the way he thought about it. And he tells a story, and then he's like, you know, I just thought that. Anyway, I'm tired. I gotta go to bed. And it's just like, it's such a, a real moment of like, he was just talking, and then he was like, I'm tired. I gotta go to bed. Good night. And he's just like, done. And you watch this movie, and you can feel Florida moving into the gore column while you're watching. You can just think, like, if people had seen this, they would have been like, oh, right, they're both normal humans. Oh, we'll go with this one who's a little better. He would have double one. Uh, what time is it? It's 9 or 7. You guys, you guys gotta, gotta, gotta go make a game show. show. Yeah, feel free, to, feel free to use, use our pitches. I'm gonna use your pitches. Yeah. Okay. You remember what mine was called? Um, I wrote it down. Wait. Yeah. I wrote it down. Oh, you know what? Feel free to use our takes on the um, Prince what, Harry. Uh, when Harry met Harry. Oh yeah, I could talk. I could do that. That, that could that could be its own. Snuff buff and that's enough. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right, great. I'll great. pitch it. Great. great. Looking forward All right. to your pitches. <laughs> Thanks for appearing on Twelve Hour Day. Thank you for appearing on Twelve Hour Day. Did my knees crack? Yeah, I, I'm very, I'm a crack person. Um, JD, do you want to head down to the um, yeah, Staten Island Ferry for Let's some night, some night riding? Look up to see what the schedule is. I mean, it just go. stops at a certain time. I thought it goes all night. No. I think it like you know like becomes like an hourly thing or something. You know. <laughs> A lot of guests here. This was a pretty. This was a, a hub. And it flew by. Yeah. We only have. Only a few hours left. Four hours left or so. Yeah, less than that. That's crazy. That's insane. That's insane. Uh -oh. Looks like eleven and eleven thirty are the last. Eleven thirty is the last, so we can probably get get down there for the nine thirty. So nine thirty to Staten Island, uh, ten o'clock back, ten thirty back, eleven o'clock back. So Wait, we'll probably get a couple of trips. More than two. More than two. Yeah, I think we can get nine thirty to if we if we get there by nine thirty, which we might we not. won't. We won't. Okay, so then ten o'clock we go to Staten Island. Uh, 10.30, we go back to Manhattan. 11 o'clock, we go to Staten Island. And then 11.30, back to Manhattan. We do, I think one will probably be in, in enough trips. No, we want to go back and forth. Why? Because we, want to, we don't want to be commuters. We're residents, you know? You're big on not going more than once. You just want to use it like a normal thing. You're awful quiet all of a sudden. 
Uh, I'm just running to a text message. How did your uh, meeting go? It went well. Yeah, everyone's Ish. happy. Yeah. What would you? How would you characterize the tone of the meeting in one sentence? Like, if you had to, if you had to summarize it with a, a key quote from the meeting, what would it be? Optimistic. Ooh, it's a good buzzword. Um, JD's just checking his text. I'm trying to strap my uh, microphone pack onto my sh shorts without like pinching, but it kind of pinches. Um, how are you in batteries? How are we on batteries? How are you? Well, I just put these in a little while ago, so I'm okay, on three I'm gonna bars. I'm going to switch these out. All right. Can I use some of your ba the batteries that are in your bag? Okay. I, uh, oh, yeah, because I forgot I have multiple packs. Right. So, yeah. So I figure I'll just use up the ones that you don't have to. Yeah. Lug them around. 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 I hope Sal doesn't feel too regretful about no, being on be the fine. old show. And JD is going offline. Now it's just me. Um, and we're about to bid farewell to the former site of the UCB Training Center. It's still, still a functional site, although it does feel slightly abandoned. It does have the feeling... It does have the feeling sort of of like squatters, like stragglers, people, the forgotten ones who are left behind. Um, I'm going to go talk to Jesse over here for a second. Hey, Jesse. How are you? Welcome to 12 Hour Day. I'm going to stand unnaturally close to you just so we're both on the mic. Do you want me to talk into your neck like so? No, I just want to stand close to you. You don't need to stretch your neck. Okay. Just you act normal. I come to you. Okay, cool. All right? We just um, talk like this. What hour are you guys on? I mean, we're in the final stretches of it. We're at, uh, I think, eight hours. Nice. Uh, approaching. Now, you had told me that your original plan was to sit in the window of the Chelsea Theater. Did yeah. you guys do that? And did no, it, it, was, uh, it was felt that it would be too hot for us to be allowed in there. Mm. And so we're going we're gonna to do a later episode, um, probably in the autumn when it's a little cooler and it's not so warm in there. That would be more climate-friendly. Yeah, the yeah. smart choice. You guys... I, like, we've, been beat, we've been beating the heat here in the training center for a good stretch. Yeah, yeah. Where, where were you guys prior to this? We went to uh, B&H, uh, the electronics and camera supply store. So on 34th and 9th? Thanks, yes. Yeah. And before that, we were just in JD's apartment. Nice. Although a portion of that audio may have been compromised due to a battery fault. On yours or on JD's? JD's. Uh, uh, my battery also went out at one point. We don't know for how long. Oh, is that what you guys are dealing with now? No, right now JD's just transporting. His, he's just replacing his batteries. So this is a, this is the system working right now. What's happening? I see. Uh, and I think we're going to head down to the Staten Island Ferry now. Oh, cool. Uh, what's the best train to get down there? Do you know, Jesse? I live and commute from New Jersey, uh -huh. so I'm not too familiar with going to Staten Island. Uh, to get down to Battery Park, for instance. Um, to Battery Park. I don't really go down there much. I, I, I have a car, so I, I'm, I don't know. Maybe, like, can you get there from a one? I'm, I'm kind of useless when it comes to Hold this. Hold on. I'm going to take a call from Jeff Falzone. I'm going to put him on speakerphone. Cool. And see if that goes into the microphone. Hold on. Jeff, can you hear me? 
Oh, yeah. I have a feeling something huge is happening. Okay, you're on speakerphone. I'm holding you close to my microphone and hoping that it picks up. Are you there? You're in the last three hours. Uh, yeah, we're in the final stretches. I'm, I'm now, uh, I'm talking to Jeff Alzone, who's on speakerphone on my phone, and I'm also standing close to Peter Shearer, Hello. who's the director of the George Lucas Talk Show and a former member of, uh, well, still a current member of Secret Man Group, although it's, we're not... Uh, uh, practicing. Did you just kick me out of the group? No, no, not at all. Okay, all right. We have a show this weekend. Yeah, we do. I'm excited about it. Uh, I'm very excited about it. Uh, Jeff, do you want to say hi to Peter? Jeff? Jeff? Are you there, Jeff? Jeff? We may have lost Jeff. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I just want to get a picture of all of us. Uh, well, put the camera on us, for heaven's sake. Uh, I'm, hold on, I'm going to get 12 hour in there. Sweet. All right, good. Sweet. I can tweet this. What do you want me to tweet about? Uh, recording 12-hour day, and then tag us in it. Cool. How long do you have left? Um, Karen. Yes. Come here. Uh, do you want to be on the podcast for a second? Yes, I can, I can do it for a second, but we've got to, i got to go back to mod. Yeah, this is fine right now. This, this is oh, happening. Oh, this is happening. Yeah, we're doing it. Yeah. Oh. This is Karen Hammerberg. We've done a lot of tour coach shows, UCB tour coach shows together. You're uh, practicing yeah. right now? How's it going? Good. It's great. What, what's the current show? Uh, we're doing writer one for legs for days. Mom. All right, all right. Um, do you remember Hello, Karen. when Hello, we Peter. went? Hi, when we went to your hometown and I wanted to jump between those columns and then you, you got really nervous and I didn't do it. Yeah, I prevented your death. There were like these two columns and Zach Poitras kept jumping back and forth between them and I like really thought I could do it. And, and I was like, like, please don't. <laughs> like I don't want to ruin the night. This is a fun tour. <laughs> by you getting injured because you were I was going to like slam my face into it I think yeah it was going to be horrible we went to that pizza place Shakespeare's Pizza in Columbia, Missouri the best pizza place on earth yeah yeah it was fun that sounds great uh, what are you here doing Peter? same thing same thing? oh right well I don't want to keep you guys from your meeting we got to go back alright have, have, a, a, great have a great time yeah, have a great bye guys have a good night alright have a good night thanks guys well thank um, you for putting up with us uh, rambling that's good Um, what's the best way down to the Staten Island Ferry from here? Uh, take the one, two, three. Makes it sound easy. Take the one, two, three. Um, I'm going to see if I can get Jeff back on the phone there. Um, Jeff Falzone. Oh, for a second I was like, oh, it's going to cut out because we're going into an elevator, but that's not how any of this equipment works. Well, the phone might cut out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're offline right now as we record this. We record these all offline, right, J.D.? Yeah. Explain this for, uh, in case the Wired editors are... Uh... Uh, this is what we call an offline audio system. It's, it's an entire wireless circuit that happens within my body here. So that means that anything that we do or say is not being broadcast out anywhere. It's being recorded locally. Ooh, I can hear it. Have a good night. I always choose the wrong door. It's always the right one. Why did you hang up before? I didn't hang up. I did hung up. No, you hung up. Why are you whispering? Uh, hey, Ryan Simmons. Yeah, we're on a 12-hour day. I know. You're at work right now? I'm excited. Yeah. You're on a 12-hour day right now. I'm wondering So it's on the other brain. All right. Well, we're going to go on the Staten Island Ferry in a minute. Yeah. We also we made up some pitches for your show. That, okay. 
Really? Yeah, I that's, was hoping that's, to interview that's terrible, you. Christian. I hate it. I'll be off work at 8 and 11 your time if you need a phone call to text me, please. Everything. That's incredible. Mark, yeah. let's All right, well, have fun at work. So give me a, a real quick. No, you know what? Okay. We've just been hanging out. Bye. A lot of, we've played with a lot of your writers. Wow. Oh, man. I'm really excited. Hey, Connor, how are you? I'm good. How you doing? Good. I'm really excited about everything that's happened here. The shirts are great. Thank you. Mark Ledgerwood. Listener, if you're not aware of the shirts, these shirts are fantastic. They're really well designed. Who made them? Mark Ledgerwood. Oh, that's you. Just yeah, said I just keep saying that name without any context, oh, and yeah. now you've learned the context. I have now. Yes, thanks. Great. Uh, how many, so what hour are you in right now? Uh, I think we only have three hours left. Oh, wow. Yeah. We're going to go to the Staten Island Ferry, though. Great. Oh, my, time. my girlfriend, Allie, and I just did the... Uh, uh, the East River Ferry a couple weeks ago I really ago, like down that to Governor's Island I really like that beautiful I submit that there are there's no better view of the Manhattan skyline than from the East River yeah it was incredible I, I'm with that do you that. agree disagree I love it I love it have you done it the, uh, when you get uh, downtown seen... it's like yes under yeah. the bridges yeah um, now uh, JD just wants to do one trip and then back I think we should do one trip and then back and then one trip and then back that's maybe a little much. You're going now? Yeah. yeah. But we're recording a 12-hour podcast. <laughs> I understand. Like, uh, <laughs> a little I much is, a little our, much yeah. is what we do. I'll tell you what. Do one. If you feel like you need two, you got the time. This is my guy, Ryan But Simmons. don't do it just for filler, bro. It's not for filler. It's that anybody can ride it once. 12-hour day has got to step it up. My, that's, that's a better justification. My original, I, well, my, here's the thing. Back and then back and then back and then back. My original goal was to do this the whole time, so I feel like I'm already compromising just by doing. <laughs> you wanted oh, to spend I didn't 12 know that hours was your just original plan. Yeah, I wanted us to go back and forth the whole day. No, <laughs> that would have been awful. <laughs> no, wouldn't have. We would have had plus. That's like riding a bus all day. No, we, we would have been the Statue of Liberty all the time. I've been sick of it by the right, Let's just go down now. Let's yeah, what go. I'm saying yeah, is. Go down, do it once. I think maybe yeah. you'll probably want to do it we'll twice. If it I wanted us to adopt 40 kids, and then you were like, no, let's not do this. Let's adopt one kid. And I was like, let's adopt two kids. And you're like, you're being unreasonable. I think, wouldn't you think that most people would be like, come on, adopt two kids? No, it seems like it's down from more, 40. It'd be a more logical approach. <laughs> Let's just, Guys, I we'll can't go. wait to listen to the rest All of this. Right. Brian, you're a good man. Be, uh, Have a good writing meeting. I'm going to. Thank you very much. Best there. What did Falzone have to say? Well, he called and he was on his break, but he apparently called at the end of his break. So when I called him back, he was like whispering and at work again. Where does he work? He works at the, uh, the Ashland Shakespeare Festival in Ashland, oh, Oregon. Right. Oregon Shakespeare Festival in Ashland, Oregon. Uh, and... I guess he's busy. Um, but the uh, would you, if you'd understood, I thought I'd been clear about it, but would you, if you had understood that my intention was once we got on the Sand Mountain Ferry to stay on it as long as we could, uh, would you have vetoed that in principle based on your saying that's like being on a bus all day? No. Do you have your thing in your pocket again? No, it's uh, Attached to my thing. Let me just hold it up like this. Maybe. Something about Mary. when you're walking makes a bunch of static occur. All right. I think it might. I don't know. Go like this. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. There's something about your hip that cruises static. I have an electric hip. See, there, it happened again. Maybe that it's near your bag? 
Is there something in your bag that's like electronic? Yeah, I got my iPad mini. Huh. Maybe that's it. Weird. Very strange. Oh. I know what it is. What is it? I think I know, maybe. I think it might be the magnetic strip on your iPad mini case cover. I have a magnetic strip? Yeah, you know the thing that like... Oh, right, yeah. Try, try holding it close to that. Never mind. I don't know. Maybe it's something like that. I have no idea. But now it's fine. But any other time, it's like... Any other time? It's so... Uh, I don't know. This is an interesting episode. I wonder if the opposite thing is going to happen this episode. That you think it's fine, but it's really not that good? Right, like we think it's fine to blew by for us. But to everybody else, it's like, oh, God, this is boring. No, I don't think so. I feel like we've been having good interactions. Having interactions with new people uh, brings forward things that we wouldn't normally talk about, so we're not relying on our standard book of stories. Right. Like, I, whenever I'm talking with a new person, I always feel like I'm less likely to repeat something I've said on the podcast already. Right. Because... You're, you know, you're dropping a new, uh, 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 into a Plinko slot yeah. conversation that you hadn't had before. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, uh, I have a recommendation, I'm going to say, uh, and, and this was, this is on my mind because I was talking to somebody about, uh, this yesterday. Have you ever seen the TV show Soap? No. I think I'm going to start loaning my DVDs around to people and see if I can get it to catch on. Uh, it's a what show. What do you mean, Lee? Oh, 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 I thought you meant the idea of... I thought you meant you wanted the idea of lending DVDs to catch up. I was no. like, what are, you, what are you talking about? The show Soap, you mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't care if people start lending DVDs or not. What is Soap? Soap was a show around the same time as Three's Company. Uh, it was a network TV show, a sitcom. And... Yeah. And it was created by Susan Harris, who created The Golden Girls. Okay. Um, and I have it on DVD, but I haven't watched it in a long time. But it has a lot of the, uh, the DNA of Arrested Development can be found in Soap. Uh, like, I don't know that I've ever talked, I've ever, I don't think I've ever heard, uh, like, Mitch Hurwitz talk about it specifically. Right. But if you watch just, like, the opening credits for Soap, it's got a big, sprawling family cast. It's basically about two sisters, one who, like, married into a rich family and one who married in more working class. And the opening title sequence of Soap has a narrator... I wonder if, I think the show all, like, it, I think the narrator was only in, like, the previously on or on the next segment, but the tone is very much like, this is the story of, hold on, we gotta get on the train, it's too bad. Of the of the intro 
is very similar to the rest of the film because it's very much like this is the story of two sisters. These are right. the, these are the Tates and this these are the Campbells. Right. And what am I doing? Um, and the show was very uh, serialized, like it had actual ongoing plot lines that were very like interwoven and often very uh, similarly like complicated. Like how Arrested Development's a very plot-heavy comedy, right. and the plots are funny. Right. Um, but there's also, like, Billy Crystal was on the show. I think he was the first gay character on television. Uh, when was this on TV? Late 70s. Okay. Um, and he was also, like, it wasn't, he wasn't uh, a camp character. He wasn't treated, it wasn't played like a stereotype. Right. It basically was just Billy Crystal playing fairly straight, like, play, and not straight sexually, but straight in terms of, like, right. uh, he wasn't a wacky character. Yeah, he was uh, played as a real human being, um, which was pretty groundbreaking for the time. And because uh, even for years, like it was sort of like other sitcoms that had a gay character, it would be very much like a swishy kind of yeah. flamboyant character. There was also a character who was a ventriloquist who only spoke through a ventriloquist dummy. It was very much like uh, I feel like Arrested Development with the Franklin character was calling back to that. Um, but I feel like this show, if it was streaming, if it was on, like, Netflix streaming, I feel like it would be one of those shows that, like, the comedy community would, like, tear through. Right. Because it's such a groundbreaking show. Uh, the, the character Benson, Robert Dion's character, was created for that show. Uh, oh, interesting. It's really sharp. And it was really controversial when it came out because it has storylines that had to do with, I think, like, abortion and right. it was different... Like, they would touch on... But they would also not be afraid of doing, like, supernatural plot twists and things like that. Right. Uh, I believe there was uh, uh, Richard Mulligan, who was the lead on the show Empty Nest, the Golden Girls spinoff. Right. He's hilarious on it. He's like... And uh, Mona from uh, Who's the Boss is one of the, ma the main characters on it. Uh, but I feel like I want to... I feel like if I start loaning my DVDs out, people will want to watch this show. It's very much... I feel like there's a weird thing about what is, what shows are living on and what shows aren't, and it all has to do with contracts and licensing. Because like now, a show could be on, uh, like Shout Factory could release it on DVD, but the only right. people who will see it will be the diehards who want to see it. Right. But if they put it up on uh, Netflix streaming, suddenly it'll be a thing where like people will see it because they'll be recommended oh if you like the rest of them you'll also like this right that's why they didn't put like Haber and Ernest on yeah Netflix. who owns Haber and Ernest I do who owns the rights to it we should find out uh, and we should get it on Netflix streaming or Prime or something Netflix Prime Netflix Prime Optimus Prime you seem like you've gotten very wistful all of a sudden. What's happened? Uh, nothing. What happened? What went wrong? Nothing went wrong. You're smiling through the pain right now. No. I mean, okay. Want to get inside? Yeah. Uh. Well, maybe. I don't know. I may want to get out of it once I realize what it is. It's not a... It's just... Uh, 
dating woes. Oh no. No, not, nothing bad. Whoa. Whoa. Uh, just a funny thing happened. Well, there's recently someone who we sort of dated a while ago, but it ended poorly. Uh-huh. Um, not through any sort of book, just a dumb situation. And then I ran into this person again. They're like, oh, let's hang out again soon. Oh. We did, and it was fine. But then now the same pattern is happening. Uh-huh. And I'm like, yeah, of course the same things happen. Like, Because you're the same people. Yeah, it's the same people. Of course that's... Um, so that I just had that realization now yeah, a series of text messages where I was like oh right of course this is the situation that's happening yeah because this is the situation that always seems to happen yeah text messages? Uh, a handful. A dozen? Yeah, maybe. Um, do you think the other person has an awareness of that it's happening again? Yes. Okay. Because that's one thing is that I'm much more communicative now. Because uh-huh. I think in the past, in any interaction, dating otherwise, I very much do not want to be the person that would cause Exert any 
energy about this, and I'm not gonna. Uh, I'm gonna say the exact same thing that I've said two other episodes of this. Michael Caine, in Progress of Nautilusia, said that the key to happiness in life is manage expectations. And so it's kind of thing. It's like my expectations are very low. This thing, and now it's like, yeah, yeah, these are my low expectations. Yeah. Yeah. sparks the same thought in me which is that a lot of romantic songs are unreasonable yeah it's like great all all night long all night all night all it almost sounds like the backup there's an argument with the backup singers all night long all night all night all night long all night all night um I feel like someone should come out with a series of more reasonable versions of some of those songs. Yeah. Until we're tired. Yeah. Yeah, just like a song about a reasonable amount of time. Yeah. Um, what's wrong with that? I can be your normal lover, normal lover, normal lover. <laughs> De- decent amount of time. <laughs> a decent amount of time. Um... Mine was from that Cher song from the 2000. Which one? The one where it's like, be your superhero, love super superhero, be your superhero, love away. You remember that? I don't remember it. That was around the time when I remember my sister. Did I tell you I bought a Blu-ray player recently? No, you referenced it, so I believe that you did, but you didn't tell the story of why you decided to get them. I decided to buy a Blu-ray player, finally, because uh, they're coming out with uh, Twin Peaks on Blu-ray. You're always very basic, you want to be the first five cars in the train. Over the 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 five cars in the train. Over the
If you're not in the first five cars, you're shit out of luck. It says 2202, so maybe we're in the second car. But we want to be in the first five cars? Yes, absolutely. I think we are. Subway announcement I've ever heard. Was it right the first time? Or? I can't hear half of it because it's garbled. Uh, he's slurring his words, and the audio system's not the best. I feel like we're in the first five cars. How many cars is this train? JD is checking to see as we come to a stop. Oh, oh, I think we just make the cutoff. I don't want to live like that. Let's live like that. Um, Is today our first female guest on the podcast? Yeah. Shannon. Shannon was. Shannon blazed the trail. As she often does. Um, what were we saying before that stupid announcement? Oh, my Blu-ray player. And you yeah. said you always and something like that. You're always the one. Like, somewhere in the marketing channels mm -hmm. someone's like Sony's like let's release things on Blu-ray because it will get people that are fans of Twitch Peaks to have the burden to get over to Blu-ray well, and it's like a bullet point that I always be like yeah 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 and be like, no one would ever do that no one would ever 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 and you're always the person that's like oh this thing I really like came out on this so I transferred over to this thing like to me you're the type of person that'd be like Oh, there a rest of that's coming out, but it's only going to be on Time Warp. You can change your cable provider to Time Warp. Yeah, but there's only about ten things that I do that for, very specific things. But I wouldn't do it for anything. I don't think. But you, first of all, you have to name another example of me doing that in order for this to be something that I always do. Okay. Uh... So I can't think of an example. I don't... I, I don't feel like it's atypical behavior on my part, but I, I see. I know there. I guess it would be like me saying earlier about how I, I'm Netflix for life because of Arrested Development. Whereas, right, there come a point where you would quit if it wasn't serving your purposes. Right, or um, oh, I know there's something. I know, no, no. I know for a fact. I think there's something like peanuts or something. I feel like. No idea. Um, but what the the reason is, it's not just they're reissuing on Blu-ray. It's that it's because I bought the series before on VHS, right? And then when they came out with the first season on DVD, and then a decade later, 
they came out with the full series on DVD, and I bought that. So I've repurchased the first season three times already. I've only ever owned the second season once when they finally came out with them all on right. DVD. Uh, but now this box set is the DVD of the full series plus the movie, which I've never owned. And I'm not wild about the movie. Subway problems. But the the rough cut of the Twin Peaks movie was like four hours, five hours long, and they've never the holy grail of Twin Peaks fans has always been those deleted scenes because a lot of he filmed a lot of scenes featuring characters who didn't make the final cut of the movie because the movie was so long that the stuff that got cut were like the scenes that didn't move the plot forward. So a lot of characters from the show don't make it into the movie because their scenes weren't important, because they weren't directly right. part of the plot. And the plot of that movie is the least interesting thing about it to me. Because, you know, the ending of it, it's just like, Laura Palmer was murdered after being involved in sordid stuff. Here's a week of horrible sordid stuff that happened before she was murdered. Right. And so David Lynch has edited 90 minutes worth of scenes from the movie into something like a, a theatrical experience. And watching just the trailer alone for this was... It would be like if you could see... Uh, it, imagine if there was 90 minutes of deleted scenes from the Muppet movie right. that were like interesting, coherent scenes that just didn't move the plot forward, but it was like right. prime Jim Henson, Kermit, Fozzie, guys, like, you know... Scenes that were deleted from the actual cut that were scenes that made the whole movie pop in a yeah. way, and maybe an original score that was much better than the score that Tangerine Dream did. Yeah, but mo mostly like just watching the trailer for it, it's like, oh my God, here are scenes of these characters that meant so much to me, filmed at the time when they were the. It's not like a reunion or something. It's right. like from when the show was still, they were the right ages. Everyone looks right, you know. Uh, and so it's basically like and also given the nature of what a lot of David Lynch movies are like Mulholland Drive quite notoriously is a cobbled together failed ABC pilot David Lynch is very good at taking scraps and making them into something so I'm fully expecting that there's actually a chance that the 90 minutes of deleted scenes I might like more than the Twin Peaks movie itself I might actually value it more Also, the, the uh, front door on my DVD player, like the, the pa plastic panel on that, had fallen right. off, so I feel like my regular DVD player was starting to die. Sure. So it was also, honestly, time to replace it. Um, hey, here's that fancy restaurant. Huh. 
Um, and here we are now. JD, I'm gonna take a little picture. <coughs> oh, actually. the whole thing. We're going to miss the train. The bus. Quote. All right. We're going to miss the boat on this one. We're going to miss the boat on this train. Um, this is different than the last time I was here. I don't think this uh, kind of mall vibe that we're getting or airport vibe was... Really? I don't think there were shops here when I was last here on this. There was when I was here. I don't think I've been here specifically since, like, uh, lots of places for you to eat here, J.D. Uh, heroin use is a spreading disease. Call Camelot Counseling. It's really weird that when you first walk in to... The Staten Island Ferry thing. The first thing you see is a giant, uh, a giant flashing message saying heroin use is spreading heroin, yeah. as if that's like the number one problem here at the Staten Island Ferry. Is it? It's yeah. mostly families here. No, I mean that's not. There's a lot of not great things that happen here. Yeah. Why? I don't know why. No, I mean why here? I don't. This I, is pretty. Um, I don't know, but it's like uh, it's like any. Port Authority or anywhere like that, where there's just like strange people. Is it because it's free? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's probably because it's a free place you can come and. It's cool and air conditioned here. I'd come here if I was desperate. Yeah. Um, also, I need to do this. What's wrong? You, you keep your, every time I look at you, you've got an expression as if you're sad about something. I'm not sad. I'm tired. I'm tired, and frankly, Connor. Oh, now you're going to snap at me? Uh, like, this seems relatively pleasant to me here. You see a CD underbelly. So far, the only thing that was weird, everything about this place looks pleasant right now. And it seemed like a disconnect to see the first message be about heroin use. Well, right now it's fine, but I've, I've been here at times when... Like, after the ferry stops running? Yeah, or during the early morning. Uh-huh. I just, I just think that's probably... You think heroin users see those messages and are like, oh man, I got a point. Maybe. I don't know. What's wrong, JD? We're going to get to the bottom of this. I need something to eat is really what the problem is. Do you want a, a, a pretzel? I'll get a bag of pretzels. Let's go get a bag of pretzels. All right, JD's gonna get some. He's got to refuel because he's getting cranky right now. I am. He hasn't eaten in a while. And I got a drink for us for on the on the boat. Okay. Um, he's over here. He might get a, a lens papaya, which is a, an off-brand uh, Grace papaya, right? Yeah, I might get. There's some. an Aunt Butchie's Bakery Cafe. I might get hot dogs. You know. All sorts of stuff you could get here. 
You can get a breakfast special. Those bananas are, are saying hello. Get some potassium in you. I don't know. I'm just gonna get a hot dogs. Can I get a, a Staten Island Ferry hot dog? Yeah. It's probably a bad idea, right? I mean, I, those bananas, there's been some bloodshed for them, but they're healthy. Are you saying I shouldn't get that? No, you should get a, what you want. I don't want to deprive you of a single thing. No, I'll be fine. Can I just get two hot dogs? Ketchup mustard? Uh, yeah, ketchup mustard would be great. JD, you ordered two hot dogs. I don't need a hot dog. What's that? Uh, just two. Two. Yeah. Good joke, interrupted my order. <laughs> I'm, I regret nothing. I'm going to tweet the photo of the sound on the ferry, make people Thank excited. You. You got two hot dogs. You're pretty happy about it. Back in the saddle. Already. I can already feel my mood improving. All you wanted was a hot dog. And you got it. Um. Uh, why, why is the Staten Island Ferry free? Um, because you, it, you need it to connect from. There's nobody at the Staten Island. Well, there's no way to from, get. Yeah, you can walk across the bridge. From Woodside to there's no real good way to get from Woodside to uh, Manhattan without paying. Like walking across the bridge isn't a realistic option. I think also because we have a free transfer to the uh, <laughs> public transit there also. Uh-huh. Like they make the choke point the trains and not the boat. Is choke point a, a transit term? Maybe. Um, we have two Twitter questions. Okay. I'm going to let you feel them. Uh, one is uh, thoughts on GMOs, more efficient food or precursor to attack of the killer tomatoes? Genetically modified. Well, yeah. I'm fine with it. How about you? I mean, I'm sure there's going to be problems with it, but I don't have a... I feel like it's already baked in the cake somewhat in the sense of 
right. uh, the second they started doing it, seeds started blowing. I have less of a problem, I think, with GMOs than I do with the fact that uh, I don't like that thing where uh, big corporations can own seed, like the right to a certain kind of seed, and then farmers get in trouble if they... Right. Like, I, I don't feel like that's fair. Uh, and I know the argument is, we've spent a lot of money developing these, but it seems like it's just... It seems to violate a, a way of tilling the land. Sorry. It seems to violate a deeper code. That it's like, well, a farmer should be able to grow crops and save seeds. All right. And if your seeds blew onto his land, that's your fault. Like, right. he didn't put them there. And if your stuff blew over here, then that's your own fucking fault. You shouldn't have let, you, you know, you should have kept a tight lid on it. Uh, and right. if that's impossible, then it's like, well, tough shit. You're in a rough business. Figure out another way to keep your millions. Right, exactly. You know? Uh, don't pick on little farmers who are just trying to save seed and grow the next year's crop. Right. I feel like, especially these days, since food's going to become such an issue, that's like anything... Anything stopping people from making more food yeah. feels like a waste of everyone's time. Yeah. It's like, let's just let that be a... Like, if you can make more food, that's or, healthy. Yeah, and like paying farmers not to grow because so, then we'll have a surplus. And it'll, right. You know, like... Um, who would win in a bare-knuckle fist fight? Rocky Dennis or Dennis Rodman? And why? Wait, Rocky Dennis as in from the movie Mask? I guess. Uh, and Dennis Rodman because Rocky Dennis was a teenager with uh, elephant man disease right uh huh you remember that movie right yeah I didn't know that was his name Mask yeah I thought his name was Mask <laughs> no. hey Mask uh, I, but I have a tendency to refer like I always refer to Sling Blade as if that's the title character's name Sling Blade right and, I, and that movie um Shine, I always refer to the main character of that as if his name is Shine. Right. I feel like we got another Twitter question. We got into what? Another question? I feel like I got another Twitter question. I can't remember what it was. I think this is a 12 hour day account. Oh, here. <sighs> oh, request. Food you ate. Oh, no. That's just about the. Oh, the Tumblr. Oh, yeah. I should have taken a picture of your hot dog. I forgot to. They're both gone now. You ate those fast, JD. I was very hungry. I do get very cranky when I haven't eaten. Yeah, I mean... I don't get cranky, I just get... You turn off. I turn into like a soldier with a thousand mile stare. Hey, we are at 9.56, and boy, oh boy, we are staring down the barrel of a San Island ferry ride. I think I know what you mean. What? I think I know what you mean. Oh. Maybe you don't mean. What? I thought you meant just uh, we're seeing some prototypical Staten Island sites around us. Well, all the, these are all, I guess, we can assume that at this time of night, we are dealing with people who just want to get home. Yes, like Casey Jost is probably right. Casey Jost is running round the bend, running round the bend, running round the bend. I think his wedding was this weekend. I think it was. Um... 
congratulations, Casey. To Casey Jones and Lisa Kleinman. Casey and Lisa, we wish you all the best from everyone here at 12 Hour Day. 12 Hour Day, we hope you have a happy marriage. Um, that's our first wedding, marriage congratulations we've done on the show, right? Yeah. You, you were at an engagement party this weekend, weren't you? Yes, for Catherine Mudon and Ken Beck. Exciting. Um, yeah, we're probably the only people who are going to be like sightseeing on this one. Yeah. I wonder how slim the pickings are going to be coming back. I don't know. We'll see, right? Yeah. We are now making our move. This always reminds me of that scene from uh, War of the Worlds. Oh, yeah. Everything's going wrong. Where they're down here at this spot. And Tom Cruise is like, Everybody! Like, my kids! Yeah. It's pretty dire. Yeah. Hopefully, our trip will go better. Yeah, right? I mean, we've been we've been recording since twelve thirty. Yep. We've gone all the day, and we're now into the wee hours of the night. It's not the wee hours. This is technically the first thing that we wanted to get done, and technically, I mean, nothing got in the way. It was like we'll we'll go to B and H, we'll grab food, we'll eat our food at the training center, and then we'll go to the Staten Island Ferry. Yeah. And we did those things. Just the one thing took six hours six or seven hours longer than we anticipated yeah we were just so comfortable and cozy there there were people to talk to uh, where do you want to go up down so this is your ride alright let's like... let's go up uh, but let's see what we can do here but, yeah I feel like up is the way to go yeah up, up and out up and out and over a lot of cops on the boat and let's go. Why? Oh, for... that's right. This counter looks longingly at the side that we're not on. Well, do you want to do you want to make a dash over? No, we can just loop around. Yeah. Um, there's that fine dining I was talking about. How many about. people do you think fall off the boat a year? Just Spalding Gray. That's the only one I know of. I say ten. All right. So between. Think about the amount of people that get on the subway tracks. I guess that's different because there's no railing. Yeah. I like this. I like multiple things. Yeah, you're looking at. He's looking at some sort of medieval scaffold. It's like a perch, a boat perch. And we're, we're now at the, uh, the bow. The bow. We walked from stern to bow. Now, are we not allowed to stand in there? We can stand, here. We can stand down there. We can't cross the road. Yeah, I know, but why aren't there more people who want to stand down there? Now, let's get over here. All right. We are over. JD and I are staring at it, really at it, it almost feels like an abyss, you know, like it feels like there's a lot of nothing. The water just reads as just darkness. 
Well, it's funny because you see water at night and it looks like an abyss and you realize how much light you actually have. Imagine what it's like to be a, to be a sailor back in the old days. Mm -hmm. Also, water uh, intimidates me a lot. Like right now, I'm very intimidated by this. Yeah. Like I feel like butterflies in my stomach because it's such a massive... So much water. ...force and there's so much mystery beneath it. Yeah. The water doesn't give up its secrets easily. And, uh, Statue of Liberty looks and, like, so small. And, this boat small. is so huge and powerful. And yeah, yet... Like, I'm a little nervous right now. Not nervous, but, like, I had that feeling of, like... Yeah. Ooh. Even though I could jump in here right now and swim over there fine, no problem. I'd feel terrible. What do you mean? If you jumped in. Yeah, I wouldn't do it. I get to shore. See, this scares me. What? I feel like you're gonna definitely try to drive into the water. No, no. Yeah, I mean, if you... See, this makes me nervous. I'm going to drop your devices. I wonder how many devices you're going to drop during the year. Oh, tons. Hundreds? I, I, that'd be an interesting thing to get, like, scuba divers to, like... See how many iPhones are yeah. over below? Um, well, a lot of iPads out. Um, yeah. This is a great view of the city. It is great, right? And the boat's pulling away, and we're just at the southern tip of Manhattan. It seems like all the buildings are sort of rotating around the Freedom Tower. Seeing big, seeing perspective work on big cities is always really impressive. Yeah. Well, the the other thing that's that's uh, if you think about like this feels kind of daunting, even though this is just a regular tuna. This is a thing that happens all day long, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It, it puts you in a frame of mind of what it must have felt like when people were going on trips across the ocean back when you, your ship could sink halfway through the ocean if there was a storm. I mean, that can still happen, but right. 
but to think of like how people made that move and like once you like if you were doing this from like the European mainland and you were heading out to the new world think how tempting it would be to just jump off the boat and go back. like I always want to go back yeah I know that it's I know what I know back there and I don't know what we're going into yeah that's a good thing to see the Empire State Building yeah it's good stuff It is crazy to think of old New York, right? right? If you're coming in yeah. from another country, and the first image you did see was a Statue of Liberty, right? They yeah. always talk about that in school where they're like, the first image you saw was Lady Liberty standing there. It's like, imagine that though. You're coming from a place that you're ostensibly trying to leave to this like big metropolitan city. And the first thing you see is this like massive statue. Keep your face sort of profile there. A little more toward me. No, in the thing, in the shot there. Alright. Got you know the vine I mean? for later. Yeah. Like, that must have been a very impressive image. Yeah. Like, imagine if you saw this. I'm fine right now, thank you. I like that you brought those, though. Don't you agree? You, you see, yeah. You don't seem as. Uh... Yeah, it's surreal. Also, what's underestimated in all of the iconography is how uh, half of the Statue of Liberty is really the base. Yeah, most of it. Yeah. And really, I remember visiting the Statue of Liberty once and being very underwhelmed because. When you actually go over there, yeah, it's basically just you're inside. It's just a giant stairway, right? And you get up to the top, and you're like, oh, you can peek through here, but it's really not even as impressive as like I've been up in the Arch in St. Louis before, right. and it's kind of the same thing. Oh, I've been in a tall thing, but going on the stand on the ferry, this is so much more impressive. Right. I wish it swung a little closer, actually. Um, but this, you really get much more of a Statue of Liberty feel than you do if you visit the Statue of Liberty and go inside it. Yes. Because when you're inside, you realize, like, oh, I'm in the one place around here that you can't appreciate this because right. you can't see it. Careful what you wish for. You know what I mean? Imagine now, like, I mean, I know New York didn't look like that. Yeah. But it's like, if you're, like, you've been on the ocean for, like, a month. And then you see that. And then you see that, and then you see this, like, city in the distance. Yeah. It's sort of the last vestige of a sort of, like, ancient Greek, ancient Roman sort of cultural posturing, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Yeah. Because... Welcome sort of, to Carthage. We do it somewhat, but, like, gone are the days where, like, Nero built a golden city. Like, a giant temple to himself out of gold that's, like, a mile long. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or like these massive things that are just meant to impress and inspire. We do it, but we do it in more subtle ways. Well, like, or the people who do it are considered a joke, like Trump or someone. Right. Or it's it's with less of a 
cultural identity, right? Like, I guess the freedom power is that, but it's like, you know, privately contracted, you know, it's not like the leader of the country has decided that we are going to show our, our, our liberty by having a statue that the French gave us. It would be a real unpopular move now. Yeah. Like, what do you think of that when you look down at, like, the foam next to the boat? Is that intimidating? Uh, and that's the thing. Is it's not, like, fear. It's not like I'm having any fear. Awe. It's like that feeling, yeah, it's like feeling of awe of, like... I feel like water is one of those things you can look at and you realize how inconsequential you are because it is one of those few things that... It's a power. It's a force. Yeah, and it reminds you so tangibly of your mortality. Like, you look down at this and you're like... I see how I could disappear in that and be dead. Yeah. Like, if you just imagine how important would you be if you were there? Yeah. Not important. Right. And and there is just as bad as the location is here. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Just, and when I say there, I'm pointing out to the middle of the water where it's right. just darkness and waves. Yeah. Right. And then you think of, like, these, like, fishing boats throughout among, like, 50-foot waves. And it's like, yeah. I imagine you could be out there and just feel like I'm at the mercy of whatever this planet is. Yeah. And so I think I think about too is like how I guess how almost random it all seems where it's like the only reason that we're on this thing that's on water. Yeah. It's because water is a thing that's just a certain molecular balance that happens to have these properties that yeah. interact with solids. You know what I mean? It's like all just like almost an accident you know like if this if, if water wasn't part of our world at all and you tried to describe it to someone yeah it would seem so oh well you know our planet is like mostly us and there's this stuff that's like just like really it's like a lot of little versions of us that moves a lot and like you know and these are all the things we do with it and right. we need it we need it but it also is one thing to destroy everything we make and it covers most of the planet, so we try to avoid it, but if we're too far from it, we're in trouble. And we can ride on top of it, but we if we go under it, it, we can't last long. But depending on what the shape is, it can also sink under it. And it, it's, it gets cold, and then it's different. Or if it's hot, then it's different. Right. If it's and hot, sometimes it falls from the sky. Yeah, if it's, it hot, if it, if it's hot, it turns into the sky. But when it's cold, it's cold and it falls from the sky, it turns into this powder that yeah. is sometimes harder or softer. And yeah. we use that for this, and we also make these things out of it. Uh, and there's things that can live in it, but they can't live out of it. And we can live both in and out of it, but not in it for too long. Like, yeah. We can't stay out of it for too long. And we don't long. know everything that's under it. Right. <laughs> exactly. Like, there's parts of it that we just can't get to. And uh, we use it to prepare our food. Right. Uh, and, and, like, it covers our entire planet, but, like, the big thing that we're looking is, that, like, we don't have enough food for what we need. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we can ruin it. And um, but if you can take stuff out and put stuff in it, but certain stuff you put it in it, it becomes a part of it, and then that makes it different and it ruins it. And you can take we can take that stuff out. But it takes and if we go three days without it, we die. Right. That's what that's one of those things. Like, like you can mix certain stuff with it, and then it'll become a part of it. And the most of it that's on the earth, we can't drink. Right. Because it's got this other thing in it that uh, it makes it so that like if you drink it, it takes it just kills you you need to drink more of it yeah. yeah you need to drink more of it even though drinking more of it with this thing in it makes it so it would hurt you right 
But if you don't have the thing that's in it, you also die. Yeah. What a stupid world. It's like these complicated rules that's like... Yeah. It, that remind, like Describing it like that, it reminds me of the time that Gethard wanted to play that word game on the show. And right. it had all these rules that you're just like, oh, this game's no fun. If you described the rules of water as if it was a game, you'd be like, let's not play that. It sounds overcomplicated. Yeah. That sounds like uh, it would like hinder a lot of stuff. And it, honestly, it might be the thing that's hindered us most as humans. Yeah. Is our reliance on water. Yeah. Now, here's the question. I don't remember. When we get to the center, are we allowed to just stay on the boat or we have to get on and get on again? I think we have to get off and get on again. I think we should get off and get on again. Why? So we can visit the Staten Island Aquarium. There's fish tanks in the terminal for the Staten Island Aquarium. But we also could get the most prime location on the boat while everyone else is off. What's, this, what's, but this is a pretty prime... I don't know. How are you doing on batteries? Do you need to charge up? I think I'm good. Oh, you mean for the overall thing? Yeah. I guess we were plugged in for a long time. It's not really a concern anymore, right? Yeah, and also we've had enough errors in this one that I'm just going to let it ride and see what happens. Only two real errors. Yeah, but they might have been big ones. That's okay. I don't think mine was very big because I was checking every now and then. Oh, good. I think mine was. I hope it wasn't. It was fun. I felt like we talked to people today that I wouldn't have expected. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't have thought we would have spent three hours talking to Sal. Yeah. Or, like, an hour and a half talking with Matt Starr. Or any time talking with Sarah and Jana. Yeah. Well, yeah, big boat. Big boat? Yeah. There's no lights on it, but it's a big boat. Yeah. Is that the boat of King Bad Boy? Listen, is that King Bad Boy's listen, big boat? King Bad Boy's not gonna make an appearance today. I know, but well, because he's over in King Bad Boy's big boat, uh, right? What happened? My friend Hot Sugar stalling. You have a friend called Hot Sugar? <laughs> Hello. Hey, what's up, Nick? How's it going, man? Uh, not really dot, 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 question mark. I have some pitches and a couple projects that I have to get done, but not super, super busy. Nick? Uh, yeah, you're cutting out. I'm actually on the Staten Island Ferry, so my service is super great. But it's the name of the people. I can hear you now. JD's on the phone right now, so that explains the silence. He's listening, not talking. Very resonant voice on the announcer on the Saturday night. For your safety, comforting. Are to remain off stairs, ramps, and landings until the ferry has come to a complete stop at the terminal. Remain behind the designated barriers for tacking. Failure to do 
JD's just listening to someone on the phone. Here's what I'm going to say about the announcer who does the announcements on the Staten Island Ferry. Like, I, I don't know if I want to say these observations when JD's listening, but uh, I'm really impressed with how deeply resonant and almost kind of comforting the voice is. Like, it sounds like the kind of voice that you could, like, right. you listen to the, the subway announcements in the MTA, they're terrible. It's whoever, you know, like, the, they're always garbled and it never feels like the person's making any effort to enunciate, even the pre-recorded ones, don't sound great. Right. And the Staten Island Ferry announcements, like, you could hire that guy to do, like, the opening narration of, like, a Tolkien movie. Right. Like, if you had that... Right, right. If you had that voice, you know, a long time ago, right. there was a shire. You know, like, the, 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 this is the story of how... I don't remember how yeah. the opening narration of the I don't have time to do Hobbit that myself. I don't have time things. to do that myself. But um, I can definitely try to get you in contact with people that can do that and would probably do a much better job than I would. Um, yes, depending on what it is. Yeah, I, I would say so. JD's doing business. This is how he gets it done. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, your phone cut out? Yeah. Did you lose a deal because of it? No. We're real far away from New York now. We're on the other side. We're at Staten Island. Hey, sorry, I cut out. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it should be possible. Do you have a budget that you're paying people or no? They gotta have that budget. I should just pretend to be the other half of JD's conversation. I don't have a budget, JD, but I'll make it worth your while. All right, just promise right. me. Promise me. Do you understand, JD? I mean, if it, if it was actually doing it, it cost like a couple thousand dollars, but if, to get someone to do it. A couple thousand dollars? What do you think I am? Made of money? JD, I only have a couple hundred dollars. Do you understand? I'm struggling. Right, if, if you toss someone a couple hundred dollars, they're good. I can't toss someone a couple hundred dollars. Yeah. Um, I, will, I will email people and see if I know anyone that is available and is at the, you know, level of wanting to do stuff, but skill-wise, is able to do cool stuff. And I'll, uh, I'll... JD, please, any help right. you could give me? Yeah, no, for sure, it sounds cool. Oh, good, I'm glad you think it sounds cool. You know, it would mean a lot to me if you would work for me, and I promise you, if it ever becomes a big deal, you will be Yeah, it seems like a cool... Here's the cool thing. I'll definitely forward, I'll forward all the info. Yeah. And I'll info. give you some emails to people, so. Oh, I love checking emails. Uh, you know, I, I have a... Yeah, a, sounds good, dude. All right. Uh, let's catch up soon. All right, let's do it. Let's have lunch, babe. All right, ciao. See you later on the flip side. Cool. Uh, give me a call when you have time, and we'll, like, meet up and uh, hang out and catch up. All right, I'll call you. We'll hang out. Have fun. Cool, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Talk to you later, man. Bye. Bye-bye. Uh, for those of you who didn't understand what the last part of this podcast was, JD was a few feet away from me and I was trying to be the other half of the conversation since you couldn't hear that half right. of it. So I don't know if that worked as an experiment or not, but hopefully 
you'll think it was an admirable effort. Jay's not concerned about the mic. Uh, yeah, that was my friend. I was making him sound like a real schmuck. No, he's a good guy. No, I know, but... Musician Hot Sugar. What? Musician Hot Sugar is when I get their show. Yeah. I was just, to amuse myself, I was pretending that he was begging you to work on something, and the funny thing was, the funny thing was, when you said about a budget, I said, budget? I don't have a budget. And you said, well, if you get a couple thousand dollars, and then I said, a couple thousand, I've only got a couple hundred dollars for the whole thing. And you said, well, if you throw a couple hundred dollars this way, I was like, throw it their way, that's all I've got. So I was trying, I was trying to... It was uh, actually like syncing up well. It was syncing up in part, yeah. That's we'll see how if it plays that way on, on record. Look at this. This is such a great view of New York. Statue of Liberty, Old Manhattan, Brooklyn Bridge. Podcast listeners, can you see it? It's beautiful. It's nighttime. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Any passenger wishing to make the return trip to Manhattan must enter into the terminal and await the next departing ferry. I have my answer. Please look around you and make sure you have all of your personal belongings. Please stop the trash and receptacles provided for the phone. We should do this all day. JD's biggest smile of the day was after he said that to me. <laughs> he hasn't looked happier than when he's crushing my dreams. Look at this. I love seeing the boy where it's like clearly years of... Smashing into it? Yeah. Oh, that would be a bad way to go to fall right now. and be Smushed? Yeah. You love wood, though. I do. Do you think you could jump from here to there? In a movie, you could. You think you could right now? No. I could. Yeah, because you're lanky. Yeah, I could make it. I think I would hit the thing and fall down. Oh, no. You'd be the propeller guy? I could do it now. I could do it now. Yeah. But I would get hurt badly. Yes. That's sort of undoubted. Just like anyone that would would get hurt. Do you think you get hurt badly? Yes. Um. I would definitely break an ankle or something. A brankle. A brankle, wankle? Yeah, a brankle. Tell me. More business calls. All right, I'm going to do the talking now. And you're a man of the people. Remember that. I need to give you this. Okay. All right. Hello? Hey. He's taking a business What's up, Colin? Put it in your pocket. All right. Right, exactly. Uh, sorry, I'm I'm actually on the Staten Island Ferry right now, so my reception is sort of spotty. All right. Ferry is now docked in St. George. Passengers will depart the ferry. Oh no. What did you? Oh, I did. I just popped it off the thing, but okay. the thing's on it. Okay. All right. So we are disembarking. Uh, I'm the only one on mic now because JD's got to do a business call. And uh, so, 
I guess. I'll just describe this. You don't have an iPhone charger, do you? No. I don't have an iPhone charger. That's what I just said to JD. Because I don't own an iPhone. Uh, but I also don't have my iPod charger with me. Uh, Blackberry, I'm going to stick with Blackberry as long as I can. Because I... I like typing on the physical buttons. I just hope, you know, I don't know. What time are the different ferries? The next one starts at 1030 or whatever. It right, starts so like right now. This one. This boat. Is it different 11? Uh-huh. We don't have to do that. We can just do the, go back and then head back to your apartment or whatever. Well, because I, I should make this phone call so I can either do that right now while we're here. So you do that here, and then we'll get on the, the 11 o'clock one. So we'll spend a half hour in uh, Staten Island. Yeah, unless you don't want to. No, I'm fine with it. Let's just find a location and do it. Just because uh, I have to call this person back. <laughs> yeah. Um, so now this is the, the first part of 12-hour day that we've ever recorded in Staten Island. And... It's just going to be me solo while JD does his business. Good luck. Well, it's pretty chaotic here, but I think I'm going to go to the. I'm going to. Hey, I'm going to go to the DQ Chip Grill and Chill. They don't have DQ over. There? It's true. It's close. What? No. Or just that one section. Let me see. I'm going to get a grilling shell. Um, can I just get a plain burger? Is that possible? With nothing on it? Just a plain hamburger. Just a plain hamburger, yeah. I'm going to sit. real dumb reason, but that's what the 12-hour podcast we do, where every episode is 12 hours long. So we're recording an episode, and my co-host wanted to ride the Staten Island Ferry there and back. JD's now explaining to someone on the phone what we're doing, and it makes me sound like a real dummy. And this is JD jumping in again. We're about to jump to Connor doing some private time since uh, this is the part where my phone call is hearable, and I apologize for that. And isn't it ironic that I'm having to cut out part of the podcast because you can hear me talking about work stuff when I was giving Sal such a hard time about the work stuff thing, and I even said that I was very open about my work stuff, but now I'm having to do this. Really stupid. I think that's a really funny theme with this podcast is all of us holding our work lives very tightly to our chests. Very strange, right? Anyways, here's Connor with some private time. Okay. Um, 
This is Connor, and I am uh, recording some private time to make up for the fact that we, we had a number of uh, technical difficulties recording this episode. You know, I'm beginning to think that's the nature of the beast, you know. Uh, when you record something for 12 hours, things are going to go wrong. I feel very bad because uh, JD has had to do a lot of editing just to get to make this episode listenable because there were phone calls that were overheard, there were uh, power failures, microphones went out for certain patches of time, and we weren't on, you know, over the course of 12 hours, you aren't always as alert to these things as you should be. Anyway, so I, 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 while I'm disappointed that uh, we don't always get the consecutive 12-hour experience, I mean, we have it as, as uh, creators of the podcast, but you as listeners don't always have that. But I'm hoping that this bonus content will be uh, fair compensation. Uh, maybe, it, maybe it'll give the podcast a shot in the arm uh, and make it more, even more listenable, perhaps. Um, I am currently recording in uh, the old UCB training center, uh, which is actually where uh, probably the, the, the lion's share of this episode was actually recorded over a week ago. Um, but I am in uh, a closet uh, there's, there are, for those of you who've never been to the, the UCB, uh, training center, there's a new one now that's lovely, but this is the old one and it's still functional. It's still used for a lot of practices and various things. And, uh, but there is a room, uh, that used to be the, what known as the writer's room. That's where a lot of sketch classes were held. It had a big desk so people could sit around and, uh, and writers can work on their sketches and, read through other people's sketches, etc. But now it's just a big long room with no table and a fair amount of chairs. So now it's just kind of, there's a window that looks in and there's windows that look out. So it feels more vulnerable. Uh, you know, if you were actors uh, wanting to practice uh, performers, you'd probably prefer one of the other rooms here. So I think that that's the reason this one is empty right now. Well, I think all of the other rooms are full of people practicing and, and rehearsing things. But I, I'm not in the writer's room. I actually decided to go into... I, I tweeted a photo of the writer's room. But if you look at that photograph, it was tweeted from the 12-hour J.D. Connor Twitter. Uh, I actually decided to close myself in the uh, darkened closet at the far end of the writer's room. And I'm in here. It's completely dark. There is a ladder and a chair. And I'm sitting on the chair, and I've... I've closed the doors, but I've been sitting in here for a few minutes now, and so my eyes have adjusted, and there's some light that leaks in at the at the top and the bottom and the side of the doors. So it's actually what was pitch black when I first got in is now pretty light. I can see pretty much everything. I can see can see the floor and the, the white walls around me, and I can see the pipes up uh, at the ceiling. Um, which are painted white, just like the walls. But the floor is a hardwood floor. Some of this will have been observable in the photograph that I tweeted. But um, So private time. It's Tuesday, uh, the 1st of July, uh, and I'm still recovering from the Del Close Marathon that happened uh, over this past weekend, which for those of you who... Uh, I, we may have covered this. I don't remember. We may have covered this elsewhere in the episode, but... 
basically three days of nonstop uh, improv shows at multiple venues. Um, starts late Friday afternoon and goes all the way through Sunday evening, uh, usually ending in a great big star-studded ASCAT performance. Uh, and then there's a party space for performers. Uh, but it really is... Uh, it's exhausting, and it is a roller coaster, you know, because, you know, you'll do a show, and normally, I will say this, normally, I'm a big believer in uh, not feeling bad personally, emotionally, after doing a, a, a disappointing improv show. I don't, I just don't think it's worth feeling sad about. I think it's very useful to do shows that are bad or disappointing because you learn a lot from them. And I think uh, the weaker shows that you do are what give value and meaning to the shows that go really well. Uh, if all your shows go great, then at a certain point it's hard to gauge what that means. But if you do some bad shows every now and then, then it makes your great shows feel more triumphant. And so, um, but I will say that during DCM, I think it's just because it's so intense. And in my case, I tend to do so many shows that I start to lose sight of that a little bit. And if I have a weak show during DCM at any point, really kind of take it on board. Like I really uh, start to feel like, oh, this is not uh, this is not going well for me. And I really start, and you know, the thing is I'll have a show a few hours later and it'll go fine and then I'll feel fine again. But I did have that feeling a couple of times over the weekend where I'd have a show that wouldn't quite go right. Um, and, you know, I've, I've, uh, but overall, it was a great weekend. I saw a, a lot of great shows, and I was in a handful of shows that were a lot of fun to do. Um, for any of you who saw, I think there were two shows. That, there were a couple shows that really stuck out that I did. One was it was fun to do a Secret Man Group, which was my first indie group, um, which I, I know I talk about elsewhere in the episode, but we did an early morning set at UCB Chelsea. It was a 15-minute slot, and I just had so much fun. It was me, Matt Cohen, Peter Shearer, three of the original members of Secret Man Group, along with Opus Moreski, who was also a founding member. He was at the first meeting where we named the group, and we decided, you know, uh, what we were going to start, when we were going to practice. And he practiced with us for a few months, and then this was, he was already a, a writer on the Colbert Report, but then he got on Herald Night, which we knew was going to happen pretty quickly because uh, of, of all of us, Opus had already had a lot of improv experience out from, uh, I think, uh, at Improv Olympic uh, out in L.A. So he already knew how to do Heralds. He'd already been on a Herald team out there, basically. And so it really was just a, almost a, a technicality, just a matter of time before Opus was on Herald Night. And... When he got on Herald Night, <clears throat> that meant uh, he did try for about a week to, to uh, stay in the group, stay in Secret Man Group. But it was obvious really quickly that, like, 
it's very time consuming being on a Herald team because you're required to practice every week. And he already had a pretty uh, uh, intense job writing on the Colbert Report. That takes up a lot of time too. And I think he just very quickly made the realistic calculation that, guys, I'm not going to be able to keep doing this. Uh, even though I think he was, we all got along really well and it was great fun. I was glad we never did a show with him. So this was our first show, uh, a secret main group with Opus. And, you know, showed up at like 9.15 or thereabouts, 9.20 on Saturday morning. And Opus had a big box of Dunkin' Donuts that he had bought to give to the audience, uh, which was really nice. It was a really, it's such a simple gesture, but it is a, it is a good example of that sort of, uh, I'm always struck. There are certain people that you meet, I mean, Pretty much everybody in the UCB community. I, I you know, I, there, I don't really have a problem with anybody. I, I'm kind of stunned by the fact that I, on some level or another, I tend to like everybody. Maybe I just have low standards. I don't know. But I'm always struck there are certain people who have a striking generosity of spirit, a striking sort of kindness to them. And Opus is one of those guys. Like, he's just... I've never... Uh, it was just such a nice thing to to think of, just to show up at the, you know, I certainly didn't think of it. Like, I was just showing up to do our show, and he was like, let's give some donuts out to the sleepy people who are sitting in the audience at UCB Chelsea, who've probably been there all night. Uh, I think it helped our, I think it helped our set, actually, because uh, People were really laughing, and I have a feeling some of that was the sugar high, although it was, I think it was a fun set. I think we did a good job. I was happy. I was very happy with it because it's nice when you only improvise with a group. Uh, you know, Basically, the only time I do shows with Secret Man Group now is at DCM, so you, it's nice that it goes well. You know, you're one show a year. Um, and then I did a group that was a, uh, it was a musical show on Saturday night. A group of us that have done worked together in various combinations over the years uh, and it was kind of like a, a, a pickup game sort of it was it was just like thrown together for DCM and it was uh, there's a bunch of us doing musical improv uh, with uh, Frank Spitznagel on uh, guitar instead of keyboard and I really enjoyed that and then for those of you who may have seen Sabonis on Sunday afternoon I think that was probably that was the, probably the show, for me anyway, this year that kind of uh, took the top spot of the shows I did in terms of it was me and Gethard, Michael Caine, Don Finelli, uh, just doing uh, a really unexpected kind of set. Like it, it just went some places that I wouldn't have thought. And uh, it's always nice not going to go into too much graphic detail about what happened in the set because rehashing what happens in an improv show is tiresome but I will say it's pretty refreshing to me when I when I find myself in an improv set that I think this shouldn't be going well like whenever you're doing something that's especially kind of vulgar or blue the kind of thing that you've seen in a dozen or more terrible kind of like cringeworthy improv sets you know, uh, over the years. And it's the kind of stuff that you think like, ooh, this is a red flag. It's nice when you can kind of do something like that and manage to make it work. Uh, and 
course, it's that's always a lot easier when you're on stage with guys like that who really know how to make it work. But uh, yeah, so I'm I'm a little tired. It's two days since it ended. I slept for almost all of Monday, to be honest. Uh, like Monday was just a lost day almost for me. And today was my first day back at work. And I'm still, it's like jet lag. It really is like when you, you take three days and you're basically in the improv wilderness. It really takes it out of you. Um, but it's, you know, a lot of people are in town and you get to see old friends and that's really nice. So what else? I've got an, about seven more minutes of private time. I'm trying to think what else uh, I want to talk about on this part. Um, what is there? I don't know. <clears throat> I guess I'll talk about this. I am sort of at the point, maybe I'm at a crossroads, I don't know, where I have one big project that is on, it's not on the back burner, it's not on the front burner, I guess it's in the middle burner, poised to be on the front burner. And I can't really talk about it because I feel like if I talk about it, it will ruin it. Um, but it's, it's the kind of thing that I think uh, I need to do at this point. Uh, because if I wait, it'll be too late. Uh, but I feel like I need to make a big move with something. And that's a frightening and kind of exciting place to be at where you're thinking like, well, I wonder if this can happen. And the thing about the, the thing I'm thinking of, the thing about it is, I don't mean to be cryptic, so I apologize for saying something that I can't fully talk about, but... I'm in the phase of it now that's probably the best phase, which is the phase where uh, phase one is me trying to work through some of the creative aspects of it to see, like, can this work creatively? And then I'll enter that really treacherous second phase. The second phase will be trying to figure out, okay, practically, can this work? Can this be a thing that happens? And that's going to have to involve me getting in touch with like money people or producer people. They're just like a foreign species to me. You know, they're just like people who I think are probably more realistic than me. People who will say things like, no, or who's your market for this? Or this is why this can't happen. Or you're gonna need a lot more money or you're gonna have to do this. And I think that's kind of always the aspect that intimidates me because I just did a post yesterday about the show Playing House, um, which if you're not watching or you haven't watched it, you should check it out. You can go to Hulu right now and you can watch the whole first season and it's delightful. Uh, you'll see a lot of familiar faces, a lot of really funny people. Um, and of course, uh, you, know, you probably don't know this, but it's uh, Lennon Parham and Jessica St. Clair who did, uh, were both UCB alums. Uh, they did the show on NBC, Best Friends Forever, a couple years ago, which um, got off to a good start and then was gone almost instantly. And there was a campaign to save that show. It didn't work. Um, 
it really did feel to me like the, 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 the sad thing about that is if you go back and look at Best Friends Forever, and I felt this at the time, you thought, oh, if that show, it was on NBC, NBC kind of didn't know what to do with it because it was a very uh, funny but also very good-hearted show. Like it didn't, it wasn't an edgy show. It was a show um, where you really liked the characters. Um, and it really would have been a perfect pairing with um, Modern Family. If it had been on ABC, you could just see that being like a hit hour. You could see everyone who watched Modern Family would watch Best Friends Forever. You could just see, it would be one of those things like the way that shows on NBC on Thursday nights used to just make so much sense. Like, oh yeah, people who watch uh, uh, Cheers will watch Seinfeld. People who watch Seinfeld will watch Frasier. You know, they would just... One show would lead into another in a way that made so much perfect sense. Um, and so now, so anyway, that show got canceled. Playing House is on USA, and the quality and the acclaim of Best Friends Forever really helped them, even though that show was canceled too soon or didn't get renewed. Uh, Playing House exists, you know, in large part because they have the pedigree of that first show. So... I mean, and hopefully, hopefully by the time this podcast gets released, there'll be good news that they have a second season. But uh, there's no answer yet, which is always that thing that makes me nervous. But I do feel like, like I'm, on the one hand, I know that I'm naive. I don't know what the numbers are. I don't know what the the details are. But I look at a show like that, and I just think, oh, how can a show like this not just go for years? Like it's just made by such funny people. Why would you waste a ton of money developing 10 other shows when you could just keep making this show? And people will figure it out. Like, people will find this show. They will realize that it's a good time, and they will watch it. And, you know, it breaks my heart to think of the way that, like, if Freaks and Geeks had had three or four more seasons, uh, the way it could have blossomed that people would have discovered it, that people could have uh, figured out, like, oh, it's this great show, I got a cat. Like, if there had been ways back when Freaks and Geeks was a show, the way you can catch up with a show now, like, like Breaking Bad became a bigger and bigger hit as it went along because people were able, you know, two seasons, three seasons in, they would hear about it, they'd be able to go back and catch up. And show, you can catch up with a show now. Anyway. So you should catch up with Playing House uh, because you want them to make more shows. But I say that uh, because I'm thinking like with my own, I'm sure there's business people who could give me an argument for everything that I think should continue or everything that I think is good enough to go on. I'm sure there's people who could say, well, here's the business reasons why. And I'm just dreading having to have those conversations with people about this thing that I want to do. Because I have an idea of how it could work. And my idea of it is like, well, we'd make this thing and then it would go here and we'd try to get people to see it this way and we'd do this with it. But, and I don't even think we'd need that much money for it. Like, I feel like we could do it for less money than other people could do less with. Like, I feel like for the amount of money that we would make this big thing with, uh, someone else would make something very little. Like, I feel like we could make our whole thing for the amount of money that would be like the cigar budget on a, 
Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. You know, that would just be the line item for, like, cigars for Arnold Schwarzenegger when they make this movie. And I don't know. But for our project, I feel like... I don't know. I, I wish... I wish I knew people who were as passionate about... I, w- I need to meet, like, producers. I need to meet people who like... who. Uh, want to help shepherd good things into being uh, but who whose skills and whose passions are on the practical side like getting stuff done because mine are entirely on the creative side I hate the practical side of things like I hate actually filming things because it's just like oh you know, we gotta get everything together some people really get into that part of it I just feel I like once everything's filmed and you can start playing around with it and edit it in peace I like the period where you're writing it and thinking of it and coming up with stuff. But the actual practical aspects of making things just terrify me. I just get so, so nervous about that stuff. Anyway, that's what I'm thinking about at the moment. I also think, I also wonder, I don't know. I wonder what other stuff I need to start doing. You know, I keep thinking that there's a part of me that thinks... I should be doing stand-up. I should try to do stand-up because I think I'd be pretty good at it. But I think I'm just so appalled by the idea of the lifestyle of a stand-up comedian. Even just going to open mics and stuff like that is so unappealing to me as an experience that I feel like that's already disqualifying. Um, I don't know. I am, I should say this, I'll go ahead and get a plug out. I did apply to be in the Brooklyn Comedy Festival as George Lucas doing stand-up. I have no idea what I'm going to do. I submitted a clip of uh, edited highlights of me from the George Lucas talk show doing monologue jokes, but I think I need to come up with an actual stand-up routine as George Lucas that has the tone of an actual stand-up comic doing his set as opposed to a talk show monologue, which is a very different uh, form of stand-up comedy. It's just, you know, like the headlines of the day. <clears throat> but anyway, I don't have a date or a time for that yet, but I could very easily bomb. I've done well with George Lucas in various contexts, but they've always been sort of friendly audiences or people who are coming specifically to see that. I could easily see myself bombing in a Brooklyn stand-up setting where I come out as George Lucas and tell the kind of jokes that my George Lucas character would tell. Who knows? I gotta film it so that at least if I bomb as George Lucas doing stand-up, I want to have a filmed record of me bombing so I can use that in some capacity. I'll go ahead and do another plug. Um, We have another George Lucas talk show coming up at UCB East on Monday, July 28th. Um, so far, the, uh, I don't have all of the guests uh, confirmed, but Sashir is going to do it. So that's very exciting. Um, so everyone come out and see that if you can. It'll be uh, Monday night, July 28th, 8 o'clock p.m. So it's the earliest one we've done. It'll be at UCB East. That's a great time slot. So I'm hoping that uh, some people will come out and see it. I've already gone over time uh, with private time. I see I'm up to 23 and a half minutes. I'm supposed to do 20, but... Uh, that's the nature of uh, recording things. When you're just talking, you go over, you run long. Uh, it's just a little bit of boco. This is just this extra uh, four minutes is pure boco or bocon, depending on 
which uh, abbreviation you prefer. All right, everyone, this is the end of private time. This has been Connor. Uh, I guess JD will edit this somewhere into the podcast. All right, guys, that was Connor's private time. And now we are back in with more of the podcast. Enjoy. You look at it, and we're definitely embarking on a journey. But you'll know watching it that it turned out okay. And that I made it. And JD would still be making deals. And I, I'm still here kicking around. Now, JD is actually walked out of the grill and chill. He's left his bag. And he's... I wonder what caused that. Because maybe I was being too loud. But he's now on the go. Like, he's definitely... We're not together at this point. And just me alone here. Um, what, do you, what does anybody want me to talk about? I'm just going to tweet it out there and, and see if anyone has a... Uh, Answer. What does anyone want me to talk about? Because I'm all alone here. JD is busy, and I am alone in this Staten. Island, DQ, Grill, and Chill. Okay. So I'm taking it to the viewers and listeners. And I'm asking, what does anybody want me to talk about? So I'm just, at this point, I'm going to start taking this seriously. Not that I wasn't before. And I'm going to start treating this like... Uh, Treating this like it's just my podcast, it's what I do. I go around and I tweet <coughs> requests for questions and topics. Hopefully within a few minutes we'll start getting some responses. That'd be great. Um, waiting to see here. So far no responses, but maybe it'll happen soon. And when once JD's back, then we'll, we'll start generating a conversation. But I feel like I've just fallen into. I'm partly as I'm tired, partly as I'm alone here. I mean, hopefully the part with the burger wasn't too bad. But now I just have this bag, which I've already read most of. The only thing on the bag I didn't read were it says get the inside scoop on Blizzard treats, special deals, and more at BlizzardFanClub.com. And hey. If I didn't sell you on the Blizzard fan club before with all that talk of uh, half-price Blizzards monthly for a year, although, man, there's a uh, picture of a woman on here on the bag. She looks pretty crazy. She's holding up two Blizzards. I guess because she, she got the, uh, the buy one, get one free Blizzard. I'm going to take a picture of her. And I'm going to tweet that picture out now. So I'm tweeting the... Uh, I'm going to tweet the picture with Grill and Chill. You hear Grill and Chill back. This woman loves blizzards. I'm going to go to the trouble of getting the uh, 
registered trademark symbol because blizzards always say registered trademark symbol. So I'm going to put it in the tweet. Registered trademark symbol. Typing it out. Going to copy it. Put it in the tweet. Oh no. My battery's too low for radio use on my... Uh, I need to plug in my uh, phone. I'm running out of juice, you know? What? That could have been a disaster. Alright, so I'm gonna get that. Uh, my little Blackberry is running out of batteries. So I've got the registered trademark symbol thing copied. Let's see if this tweet goes through. Start selection. All right, so here we go. They're playing uh, uh, American Pie in the uh, DQ Grill and Show right now. That's the song that's playing over the over the loudspeaker. So, uh, oh, and JD's back, and he is done with his phone call. Do I want to come over there? Uh, I have an outlet right here. Um, I'm going to try to... Sorry. It's you okay. couldn't hear any of that, right? No. Was I being too loud for you? No. I, have to, I have to make sure you couldn't hear any of that. I couldn't hear... In the I mean, podcast. Oh, in the podcast? Yeah. Why? Confidential? Yeah. Hopefully I don't have to believe out that last 20 minutes. I hope not. I think um, I was far enough away, right? Yeah. It would just sounded like background noise. There'd be no content to it. Right. Um, it's funny because I right now I have an impulse to talk to you about. Uh-huh. What I talked about. Yeah, you want to stifle that impulse. What's that? You want to stifle that impulse. You I know? have to. Yeah. But I was like, immediately, I was like, I was like, oh man, I'll see what Connor thinks about this. And it's like, oh no, I can't. Oh, I can't. I heard literally one phrase, I think, from all of it. What was that? Bells and whistles. Thank you. Have a blessed evening. I might have to bleep out some of this. What? You, no, not me that saying phrase. bells and whistles? No, but if you can hear that on the podcast at all. No, I just heard that phrase, but I don't think. Right. Uh, I like this song. I just mentioned that this song was uh, happening. I also, I got desperate because I felt, felt like I was, what? You plugged that in. Yeah. Um, oh, man, I hope I wasn't talking too loud over there. If you were, you have control over this episode, yeah. you know? Um, let me see. I asked for some content. Oh, good, I got some reggae music. Um, how often do ties get caught in paper shredders? Uh, less often than I think. I mean, I think that's more of a comedic and movie trope. Wait, what are these? these how are often do ties get caught in paper shredders? I started asking for content because I was running out of stuff to talk about. Right. Someone just wants me to talk about reggae music. Um, uh, Jason Knight, Jason in Brooklyn says, uh, let's talk about the movie Groundhog's Day. Well, first of all, Jason, it's Groundhog Day. I assume you're talking about that, but you, know you call what? it Groundhog's Day. I'm going to say this. What? I feel like we've done a lot of movie talk right now. Uh-huh. Connor, I want to hear about you, Connor the person. Okay, but Jason did ask for this, and you abandoned me for 20 minutes, so I feel like... I know, but now I'm... Now I'm we got to get on the ferry, too, right? I know, in a couple minutes. Um, so I'm trying to re- reassert Well, Jason, Jason Knight, who has uh, transcribed the podcast a lot, says, 
let's talk about the movie Groundhog's Day because that's how I feel whenever I transcribe your podcast in the best way. Right. Um, test, 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 JD. Test, 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 Connor. There we go. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, reggae music, I, I mean, I don't really know a lot of reggae music. I know there are certain music that I like that has been influenced. Like, certainly Elvis Costello's Watching the Detectives has kind of a reggae influence to it. Have you ever uh, seen The Harder They Come? No. Really? No, I haven't. I feel like that'd be a movie you'd really like. Maybe I would. Like a cult, Jimmy Cliff cult film? You know that song, right? The harder they come, the harder they fall, the one and all. It's also the same movie that has a you can get it if you really want. You can get it. Even if that I die. Um, Jimmy Cliff did a song with Elvis Costello for the movie Club Paradise called really? uh, uh, Seven Day Weekend. Not a great song. <laughs> um, I think Groundhog Day is a good film. I do too. Uh, I really like Harold Ramis. I think that's probably his best work. Uh, Naomi Calhoun asks, which atmosphere slash ambiance is the DQ leaning more towards, chill or grill? I've already confirmed more chill than grill here. This is actually very sort of chill. Yeah, I like it. They have free Wi-Fi. Yeah. Uh, it's pleasant atmosphere here. Griffin Newman asks, uh, let me see, what does he ask? What's your favorite type of packing material? Is that a callback to the whole packing peanuts uh, fiasco in episode That was funny. Two? That was one of my favorite life moments at mm. all. I've never more clearly seen like What's a visual wrong? metaphor for a person. <laughs> mm. So what do you want to know about me? I don't know. How are you feeling, Connor? I'm What's feeling, new? Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. I like how we've gotten like 11 hours in the podcast before I was like, so what have you been up to? Um, pretty good. Um, I'm trying to think what is new. Are you trying to gauge by other people's conversations whether you feel like you could be heard before? No. I was previously, but not right then. Not right then. Right then I heard what I thought was static, but I think it was a fryer. Oh, some grilling. Probably yeah. a griller. Yeah. Um, what has you been up to, Connor? What's been on your mind? What's been on the mind of Ratliff? Um, mind of Mencia. Wondering about... Um, we'll probably have to head over to the... Yeah. Um, lately, I guess I've been wondering... You know, a lot of people have been moving to L.A., and I don't think I'm going to do that. Right. But I have been wondering, I suppose, whether or not... Uh, I need to do something or not, whether I need to, uh, figure out what my next creative move is. Certainly if Wired doesn't feature us, if Wired doesn't end up featuring us, then who knows what will happen with the podcast <laughs> after episode six. That's a bleak, uh... I mean, I haven't put all my eggs in the Wired basket. Right. Certainly wouldn't hurt for them to feature us after episode six. You've been taking all those classes at Wired Magazine too, right? Trying to take all those classes. Um, 
When we go on the boat again, I want to find the outlet that I can charge my phone because I, I almost ran out of batteries in my phone without even realizing it. I was on a very important phone call and my batteries almost ran out. Now, let me ask you this. Uh, without asking any of the content of the call itself yes. that you just had, the business call, right? there was a point where you left up and ran out of the Dairy Queen to Well, go. I realized I was saying things that I could not risk being heard on a uh, podcast. Gotcha. This way. Which way? This way. All right. Oh, oh, you didn't take any time to look at the aquarium. You have to hurry and go see it. Oh, right. Yeah, we all we did was go to the DQ Grill and Chill. I, we went to Staten Island to eat at DQ. And where's the aquarium? Right here. There's two. That's it. That's small. It's a, oh, it's a nice fish, though. Pretty big fish tank. Pretty big fish. I guess for a whole island. Oh, look at. Wow, oh, it's pretty nice. Look at these big guys. Big fish. Uh, we're looking at some silver arowana, some red-tailed red catfish, some red-bellied paku, some royal green terrors, some giant osphromanus gourami, some red oscar, some channel catfish, some fat sleepy goby, some ornate beecher. Fat sleeper goby sounds like a character on the Gethard show. Uh, that sounds like the crowds. A crowd says sleeper goby is actually. That's the name of a character I've been doing for a long time. Oh, is that a, is yeah. that a friend of King Bad Boys? Flat Super Gobi. What'd you make me up? Do we want to see that action figure also created? Flat Super Gobi? Yeah. He just keeps going, Life's a desert. Life's a big old desert. Uh, but Gobi isn't spelled like the Gobi Desert, though, is it? It's not a reference to that. Yeah. It's just a general. Just a general thing that Gobi yeah. says? Yeah. I like how King Bad Boy took off. People really like, really like King Bad Boy. Yeah. And his, uh, King Bad Boy's big boy. It's funny, listening back to it, you, you really didn't like King Bad Boy. You were really annoyed by it. Yeah. Uh, you were really into him. Right, and it bothered you, which, actually, uh, which, I, which tickled me. Should, should we go record the podcast in the voluntary quiet zone up, up there? <laughs> Well, it feels like we're in a King different... Bad Boy. Um, it feels like we're in a... This is a different boat than before. Uh, it is different boat, and we're, on the, we're not on the second floor. We're on the first floor. I want to go toward the front. I feel like I want to see more of the approach this time. The brooch? The approach. Oh. Unless you see an uh, outlet somewhere. Right oh, there. there's some outlets. Right I don't want to be there. I don't want to be there. Okay. Let's go to the front. Let's approach. Um, also, you don't need your phone for that much longer. No, but, uh, yeah, you're right. You'll be home in an hour and a half. Yeah, 90 minutes. Uh, but uh, we're not allowed to talk up there, I think. Really? Right, we're, gonna head, we're heading upstairs. We're, in the, we're on the Staten Island Ferry again. And we are 
taking a look. Because if there's one thing that podcasts are good at, it's breathtaking views. Uh, my height is higher. Is this better for this? Yeah. Um, we can have this whole side to ourselves, JD. There's no plugs over here, though. There's a whole side. Alright. I'm gonna turn my phone off. What do you need it for? For listening to something on the way home or Yeah. Do you listen to media on there? Or I'll write emails or things like that. Uh, Kill the time on doing stuff. Um I look at the city. I see lights, black, darkness, color, twinkling. The light is the city's blood. And the blood pours thick. Is there another the upper sky. level? Maybe if you Why don't people want to be up here? Where? Up where? Where we are. Why is this such a desolate part of the boat? I feel like it's a really cool... Oh, no. The stinky showers are about to come on. I feel like... I feel like what you just said would be like the type of thing if you had written for like Nickelodeon for 10 years and it was just like your natural impulse would be... I write for I write for Gorby's Gross Out Hour or something where it's like <laughs> for Big Sleepy Goober's Gross Out yeah what's his name what's the name of the uh, Big Sleeper Goby <laughs> Big Gooby Sleepy yeah JV is the perfect height like it's as if these windows have been built for your first okay ram 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 there's these, we're looking at the windows the front of the boat, otherwise known as the bow of the boat. Yeah, we're, we're bowmen once again. We're on the starboard side of the bow. Starboard bow. And Wait a second, are they there's, there's windows that only open to a certain height, but it is a perfect eye level for me, and it perfectly blocks Connor's eyes. Ooh, look at that big boat. The Orient. Everyone Google the Orient ship. What do you think's on there? I think it's the shipping ship. It's a shippy ship. Like it ships stuff. It ships other ships. What bridge is that? Arizona. Is that the Verizon? I don't know. I thought the Verizon was over there. You're right. Maybe that is the Verizon, though. That's the Little Verizon Bridge. What? It's the Little Verizon Bridge. <laughs> Not the regular one. New York. New York. Okay, do you think you could dive into the water, swim underwater long enough that the boat could go over you? No. I would just die under the boat. <laughs> Any dares I posit to you always end in you dying. Yeah. It's a logical end for a lot of your scenarios. It feels weird. It feels as though we're just going sideways. Oh, wait. This is not a boat to Manhattan. What do you mean? This is a boat to... I don't know why. That wasn't even a funny joke. I just like to see the momentary confusion on your face. Yeah, like what? The sideways Staten Island? Yeah. Staten Island sideways ferry? Staten Island Just Queens. goes to another part. Goes to Queens. Well, those Queens over there, right? Yeah. It just takes you further away from Queens. Yeah. It is weird. Do you think you can swim to Manhattan? What? Do I think what? You can swim to Manhattan from here? Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's the most impre- that's the most impressed I've been after one of my questions. I would have to. Whereas under the boat, I feel like I would die because I wouldn't be able to get up for air. Right. 
But I feel like if I had to from here, I could swim to Manhattan. I would be worn out completely, but I don't think I would drown on the way to Manhattan. You would drown if exhausted. Yeah. No. I would be determined, because I would have the same will to live under the boat. I just wouldn't make it. But I'd be able to get air all the way to Manhattan. Right. Even if it took me a really, really long time. Like, how long do you think it would take you to swim from here to Manhattan? I mean, it takes a half hour in a big boat. Like four hours? Six oh. hours? I mean, I hate the idea of it. That's like two Salgenta interviews. <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. Um, it, feel, it feels like it'd be quicker, but it wouldn't be. No, the thing that's frustrating is... At first, you would feel like, well, I'll be there relatively quickly. And then once you've been swimming for an hour, you'd be like, I don't feel like I'm any closer. Well, because, look, we haven't, we're not even near the Statue of Liberty, and that's so far away from Manhattan. Yeah. You know what I mean? Why does it feel like we're going in such a weird direction? Oh, no. We got on the crash ferry. This is a ferry that people get onto, and it just crashed into something. Oh, no. This is one of the biggest money Do you remember holes. when the ferry actually did crash? This is de Blasio's biggest money hole. De Blasio, terrible oh, idea. The Stavahun crash ferry. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. It was a big deal. What do you think it's like on that thing? There's a big metal rectangle with lights on it in the middle of the water. Probably a pretty good time. I wonder what the people like are like on that. Prisoners. Oh, that's, the t- that's, that's New York's tiny prison. Yeah. It's that's New York's uh, New York Children's Penitentiary. It's, a, it's for uh, bad boys. Yeah, that's for bad they boys. They can't catch King Bad Boy. King Bad Boy. King Bad Boys. The King of Bad Boys. Uh, every six to eight months, King Bad Boy crashes his big boat into the uh, <laughs> yeah. New York Children's Penitentiary, and the children spill out onto the boat. And King Bad Boy like King Bad Boy gets the boat. Get the boat, King Bad Boy. King Bad Boy honk, honk, honk. dumps them at the Statue of Liberty, though. That's where most of them usually get recaptured. Yeah. And they become a part of the arm. You know what I was thinking? What? I was thinking of zip lines. I'm mm-hmm. a kid, I'd always think about that. Zip lines and uh, tin can phones. What if there's a tin can phone from the top of the Freedom Tower to us right here? Yeah, who would you talk to? I don't know, just be like, hello, do you think it would work? Would you do a zip line from here to the top of the Freedom Tower? From here to the top? No, because I would just not go anywhere. But from the top down here, yeah. No, it, it would be up so high from here. You'd climb a ladder, and it would be a zip line down. It would also just keep sagging because the boat's getting closer. <laughs> so you just get stuck in the middle somewhere. Would I you, would. If, if it starts from the height that you can go down to there, you do a zip line all the way from here to yes, there? Yes, I would. You would be worried that you would wear out and fall? That I would wear out? Yeah. You mean like holding on? Yeah. No, I can hold on for a while. You do, would you do an unharnessed zip line from here to there? Yes. You would? Well, well, even if the prize is just my own pride. It's a dumb way to go, JD. Yeah. That's how I want to go. Uh, doesn't, uh, tell me this. If you squint your eyes a little bit, doesn't the Emperor Stippling look like a gnome right now? Yeah, it does. It's colored just like a gnome right now. It's wearing a blue, wearing a blue <laughs> It looks like a, a blue shirt. Giant gnome. Blue shirt. Can you take a picture of that, Jimmy? I, I mean, I don't know if it'll come up. Use your iPhone. I mean, it just won't get close enough. All right, well, look. It's wearing a blue shirt. It has a white beard and a red hat on. Hashtag Gnome York. That's going to be one of those hashtags that I will not remember what it was from. 
blurry. Oh, you were so close. Oh, I went to video, that's fine. Um, yeah, you can get it. Yeah, it's a good photo. Get it? Let's see if it looks like a gnome. Yeah. yeah. Or, or it looks like one of those, uh, what's that oh, kind of uh, popsicle? Yeah. Uh, rocket pop or whatever? Yeah, a rocket, yeah, whatever it's called. Star Spangled Popsicle. Um, would you do the zip line with no harness? It's just you have to hold on. If, if what happens is if you fell, if you perish as a result of it, everyone would find out that you refused the harness because it was a $50 rental, you said that's too expensive. So the people would think No, you, I wouldn't do it then. <laughs> so wait, you would do it... No, because you're basically saying, would you do it if when you died, people would be like, no, that was his fault. <laughs> but is it specifically that it's kind of like, JD was like a weird kind of cheapskate. But I'm not, though. I know. So your reputation is worth more than your actual life because... No, it's... No, no, no. My reputation... That was the... You were, you were willing to do it if it meant uh, you would probably die, but though it really made you... What no, really if it was you. like a dare, could you do this? As opposed to like, I'm going to make an idiot decision because I don't want to show a few bucks. Yeah, but you were willing... I mean, the odds are you would fall. Like, it's no, a long way to go. Why are those the odds? you can't hold on that long. It's going to be a absolutely. long zip line. No, it would take maybe like four minutes. Really? To go that far? It took a half hour for this boat. Yeah, but I'd be flying. Arrogance. Uh, but I love that the breaking point, I knew it would be. I knew that the breaking point would be that if they found it out for us, like, oh, the worst part I'm is... I'm willing to do dumb things as long as... People don't think... As long as people don't think they're dumb. But that would really bother you if you knew that afterwards they were like, oh, it was so sad about JD. He... They yeah, offered it would bother him, you. Wouldn't that bother you? Of course, but I wouldn't do it in the first place. I would do it the first place it was like this guy like you know I would if I had the skill I would love to be a guy like tightrope across the Grand Canyon why does it feel like we're going sideways but we've somehow gotten closer forwards uh, because of the water motion but doesn't it feel like we've been consistently moving sideways but yes. now I realize we're really close in a way that we weren't before uh, that's also a perspective trick because those buildings are far away and tall yeah and nothing in our foreground has given us perspective as to any forward motion. But it feels like if we continue doing this, we'll crash into the Statue of Liberty. Right. But really what's happened is we were just very far away. And, and we were just we focused were on that yeah. and not focusing on the sides right. movement. Right. And so the Statue of Liberty is just closer than it was. Mm-hmm. It's not that we're moving towards it. It's just we had no lateral... Uh, comparison. It is kind of amazing to me that you can do this for free because it does feel like something that yeah. should cost a dollar. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. That they would they're they're turning down sixty thousand dollars of. I mean, I would pay a dollar for just to see it. Uh, Empire State Building looking at Nome. Yeah. And we're getting that for free and a boat trip. That it's weird that there must be some guy who works in the office that makes these decisions who's always like, uh, we should just charge a dollar. Yeah. And every year it's like, you're talking about $60,000 a day that you were throwing on the toilet. Right. And you just can't understand why no one has I bet there's on. a more complicated reason as to why it doesn't cost Yeah, there's someone else who's like, look, we can do that, but we'll lose this much and this much, and we'll lose this, and we'll have to deal with it. Right, this. or it's like there was a deal that was made in like 1902. What is that big black spot? Oh, <laughs> I know what that is. What is it? Governor's Island. Governor's Island. I was like, what is that giant, dark 
void. I was like, oh, that's... Oh, and turn... You were staring into our souls. Well, it looked like... It looked like in a video game and something just doesn't load. Uh-huh. Yeah. Information not found. Yeah. Were you worried that part of the Matrix was just crumbling? Well, what it looks like is like the nothing. Or the darkness from Pirates of Dark Waters. Did oh, I ever tell you about that? I feel like I already talked about it on the podcast. The there was Pirates a show in the 90s called The Pirates of Dark Waters where it was about these pirates who had to collect these crystals in time before this like dark water, sort of like nothing from every story encapsulated the world. It didn't do it fast enough. The world would end and disappear. And what I think is so funny, it was like a goofy show and I always reference it because one of the characters there phrase, their exclamation was Noijitat. He was like a pirate that spoke a fake language and you always go Noijitat. So every t- I do that frequently. Yeah. But what I think is so interesting about the show is that the premise is it's these pirates that are trying to get these crystals and thinking you get all of them they can stop the universe from ending because this dark water is developing everything, right? Yeah. But and it was like this big thing that Cartoon Network put all this money into but it was very plotty and it moved very slow and as a result it had bad ratings uh-huh. and as such it got cancelled and so the final episodes was never, were never broadcast Yeah. and so it, it ended before they were able to get all the crystals and so the thing that I think is so interesting and so funny in this strange meta way is they weren't fast enough uh-huh. they didn't get the crystals fast enough and the universe ended like the universe of that, of that world? cartoon ended so it got cancelled because the plot didn't move fast enough and they didn't get all the crystals fast. Like, like yeah. that's what happened. Have you been able to see the unaired episodes? Uh, yeah, I think they, like, you know, they exist. They just never got broadcast time. Yeah. Is and it, they, but they still ended before the, the... Even the unaired episodes don't wrap it up. There's never an unaired episode where they... Uh, yeah, I don't think... So. I think they wanted to, like, drag it on for a long time. But it was so interesting. Like, I remember having that realization when they were like, they didn't do it fast enough. The universe did end. And the only way that a universe like that could end is that, like, it just stopped. Yeah. Oh, look at all the... Look at these giant uh, buildings on Governor's Island. Yep. That's pretty cool, huh? Yeah. You see that, like, the lit up? Yeah. That's where de Blasio lives. De Blasio! No, he lives on Mayor's Island. That's a mistake. Yeah. Mayor's Island is tinier and Oh that was that place back there that we thought was the King Bad Boy Child Prison. No, that was the that was the King Bad Boy uh, that New York Children's Penitentiary. Yeah. Uh, oh wait, now we passed the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. It feels like it just disappeared. Look to the side. See? Right there? Oh yeah, there it is. Mm-mm-mm. King Bad Boy. Like something from like Koyana Stasi or Samsara. Yeah. We should do an episode one time where the first six hours is us talking 
dramatically in the, the second six hours, hours is musical is music that you sh- we need the audience to lay underneath that <laughs> <laughs> just ambient underscoring alright boy I tell you what if you're ever in New York City find a time that's not rush hour and get on that Staten Island ferry if you want a nice view of this New York this is honestly a great date a great what? This would be a great date. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, cheapskates. You want to impress her? Honestly, yeah. Um, take her on a boat ride. Don't say that, though. Yeah. We're going on a boat ride. I always do think, though, it must have been so weird the time that guy crashed the Staten Island Ferry into the thing because at this point, you wouldn't realize you were about to crash. You really just wouldn't realize it until the crash was almost happening. Yeah. Because it's not like this goes fast. He didn't, like, super speed up. Right. He just didn't stop in time. Which building would you want to be yours if you could take one of them? Freedom Tower. Really? No, I don't know. If I could take one building, I would want... From that I can see a building yeah. that I can see right here. Um, it's hard to decide. We're looking at the southern part of downtown. I mean, it's really hard to choose because they're all fairly uh, similar. I'd be fine with any of them, honestly. They all seem really good. I would take the one that's sort of tilted and tall. Um, or the one behind it. I would take the one where you see where it almost looks like there's a slightly diagonal uh, lit part, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where, the, where the window's going like that, I would take that one. Wait, where? Right there, it's sort of in front of the three-pronged white light tall yeah. building. Uh, some of the lights are flashed just a second ago. Oh, right, I see it. They're, they're kind of flashing on it. I think I take that one. Bingo, bango, bongo. Well, it's, a real, like, it's just a real peaceful vibe on this boat. It doesn't, I mean, like... For people who have to take the ferry during the commute, this thing's a nightmare. Right. It's just like a crammed full of people thing. But right now, it's just a big free boat that you can see right. all it, of... Right, it probably loses boat context during the massive commute hours. Yeah. But right now, it's just like a boat. Although, I imagine you could find a... Although, I will say, when you're on the subway, do you ever stand at the front of the subway car? Yeah. And look out the, the window? window yeah. um, that's a really exciting perspective. Or you just you take the point of view of the what train. What do they do to the windows? There's some weird thing that happens where uh, all the co- all the color lights radiate color, and it's like all slightly blurry. It's like not just normal glass, you know. I don't know. And now it's as if they it's as if right now they've shut down the motor. Like this is a sneak attack. They didn't like, shut up. Like we're gonna no no, but right. like it's it's like but it's as if it's like. Let's glide in so they don't notice us. Right. Like, we're just peacefully gliding into New York. Is this a standard thing? 
Yeah. Or is this something special that happens in the late hours of the night, you know? I think this is a standard thing. Just like, we're going to ease her in, gentle as a lamb. You just want to kiss the coast a little, you know? Doesn't it look like we're much bigger than the place that we're going? Yeah. I guess we are. I guess just the front has to connect it. I think we always feel like we're bigger than the place we're going. That's what makes us human. That's what separates us from the animals. Don't you forget about me. Keep the third room today. Is that raw? The geek. The loner. The sports out. The gym back. The bubble tap. The what? Kinder Brock. Another thing we learned today is if you feel like you're being sent on a wild goose chase, you gotta get that goose. Who's that from? What? What was that from? I think Sal said something about a wild goose chase. Oh, yeah. All right, we are docking. If we were any band, like, metal band from, like, the late 80s, what would uh, we be? Oh, uh, I don't know. Dockin'? Dockin'? That's a metal band? Yeah, I think so. Might not be the late 80s. I don't know that we'd be them, though, just because we're on this boat. Look at how the wood, like, it curves in. Like, it seems like such, like, an imprecise... That seemed pretty imprecise. Oh god. It's more art than science. We're gonna hit on that side. You guys, we're gonna hit. Oh god. Oh boy. They don't know what they're doing landing this boat. Now I'm getting that feeling like at an amusement park when when you're on one of those water rides and it gets a little bit choppy as you're sliding down the things. Right. Yeah, it's a it's an imperfect process here. You think we're gonna make it happen? You can make it happen the second time. Wait, can you bring cars on this? Looks like it. Looks like it's equipped for it when de Blasio wants to take his hot rod to Staten Island. Take his goddamn fucking drag racer and do. What's in the water there? What's that in the water? Where? There's something blue in the water? What's happening down there? No, that's reflective light. No, there's something blue in the water, JD. It's not true. God, you're the character in the movie that doesn't realize there's a blue thing in the water that's going to get us. Connor, just go to sleep. Oh, good night, JD. Imagine falling into there right now. Oof. How would you feel? Look at that. Look how would you look feel? Look at the power that is. How would you feel if you were in that water right now? Ugh. You I just swim know. under. That's not how anything works. Swim under. Just pop up on the other side. Are we going to get to go through the boing thing there? You have to use words that are... Like, there's an upper level. Are we going to get to leave through this upper level? Yeah, I think we have to. I mean, we leave through down there. That was to go down. See? We leave through where? Right now, we can run and jump. That's going to go down. Oh, it would be so amazing to run and jump out of these now. Yeah. How much trouble would we get? How much trouble would we get? 
a lot? How I, don't, much? I don't know if you could make it. That's easier to make than the other one. Because I feel like you get more of a running start at it. I don't think you could jump over that gate. You use the gate to... What about now? Like, now if you did it? Now it would be harder. Harder? Yeah. No, because you could... The fall would help you. The fall would never help you. You'd bounce off of it until the... Hey, look. There's a Star Trek Patty Duke sign here. Weird. Are you in this? Is that, is that? Oh no. No. Is that what I look like to you? Look at that. That's the worst picture. Who That's me. Who would ever want that picture of them on an advertisement? We going back? We can't. This is the, this is the last one. We'd be stuck over there. Really? Yeah. 11:30 is the last uh, boat on both sides. We doing good. What are these people doing there? They're going to go to Staten Island. Oh, oh, I see. And stay there for the night. Yes, yes, yes. There's no midnight. Yeah. And we are back in New York City. I mean, yeah. we were still in New York City. Real New York City, not Staten Island. Right. It was funny. I remember when I first moved to New York. Or, like, when I knew I was going there. I didn't understand the differences between, like, New York, Brooklyn, New York City, Manhattan. Mm -hmm. I didn't get it. Yeah. I thought now? that Manhattan and New York City were like different names for the same thing. Yeah. <clears throat> In the same way that I don't, I don't understand UK, England, Britain. Yeah. Uh, what are the British Isles? You know, all those, mm -hmm. whatever all the different words are for all that stuff. Yeah. Well, well, well. How do you get back to Staten Island if you miss the ferry? You don't. You stay at the the W Hotel. All right. Thank you. Um. Okay. I just mean there's more despair here. All right. The fun's over. The fun's over. Fun's over. Mm. Well, yeah, like right now, if you were racing to get here, you'd be like, I gotta get on that boat. Yeah. Like those people. Those people, you see them, they have a little sense of urgency. They have a little sense of, we don't it's have... It's funny, as we walk, we're going to see more and more urgent people. Here, yeah. Uh, but you see, like... Oh, we can take the R right to Queensboro. Not to Queensboro. To Queens Plaza. We don't want to go to Queens Plaza. We can take the R up to uh, like 34th Street or something. Or do you want to walk through the city a bit? Yeah, I'd rather kill some time walking than kill time waiting. Yeah. Um, actually, let's watch for let's watch some desperation. Oh, that's right? gonna be sad. Like, let's just watch a little and see. Do you wanna do you wanna go let's go up there and watch. Let's go in and like watch, see if anyone just just makes it. Just misses it. Ooh. That's a good thought. 
Are you understanding the sign more and more now? What? The heroin sign? Yeah. I mean, a little bit more. It still feels like a weird, a weirdly prominent first thing to see when you walk into a, a pre-public building that has uses other than... Uh, yeah, I mean, I just think there's a rotating list of things that it says. Yeah. Like, I guess it would be the difference between, like, like how they'll have character cartoon characters talk about, like... That's okay. What? Oh. The doors are closing? That's, I don't like seeing it. You don't like seeing it? It's like stressful to see. Right now we're just watching to see, yeah, it's stressful to see, oh God, it, like I've just taken out a bag of candy. It's just, it's so obvious that I'm standing here watching latecomers for my entertainment. Right. I just see like a middle-aged woman running desperately to get on a boat. Yeah, I hate it. Yeah, I can't watch much more of it. Let's go. Yeah. Also because I feel like... I'm just, I'm just taking on the stress of it. Well, I also feel like since I wanted to start eating some of these gummy bears, I just look... Cruel. And it's not like the people that you're seeing aren't people that you like necessarily want more bad things to happen to. No, they already live in Staten Island. They just don't look happy as is. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're already getting home super late. Like this right here. I think the, the people we're seeing now are still going to make it, though. Like, I think it might be more fun to do... I, I don't know, but, like, if we're at, I wish like, it was like a, Saturday night or something, where it's, like, drunk idiots. Oh, God, like this guy? Right. Oh, this is, like, the fact that you've noticed that this was going to be a thing that... Like, we're going to see... Some, the next person we see running for it will not make it. Right. Which is like a bummer. Mm. Yeah, how do you get there? You get a taxi to take you across a yeah. bridge to another bridge to another bridge? That guy might make it because he's a skateboard guy. Yeah, they always find a way. Do you want to go to the New York Film Academy Cafe? Oh, my God. That place is such a crock. The New York Film Academy? Yeah. Wait a second. Brett Ratner goes there. No, he doesn't. He went to NYU. <laughs> I saw a commercial on TV. He lost a bet. Do you know it's actually true? I think you told me that once. Yeah. Who was the bet to? Uh, at the Film Academy. He bet the Film Academy? He's bet one of the, like, head guys there or something. I forget what it was, but... I mean... If that's the person you can get to be your spokesperson, you've already made some missteps. Um, can I have a gummy bear? Yeah. Give me two. That's right. You're a kind man. Um, it really is... Man, these are good gummy bears. It really is... God, I don't want to see someone running now. This would be the worst. Like, someone who has no chance. We're walking away from Staten Island Ferry area now. We are just downtown. 
walking through the city streets, the halls of finance. Yeah. There's nothing really happening down here this summer night. No. Wasn't this the place in the Fisher King? What place? Where he worked? This building? No, I thought the place... That's on Park Avenue, the one that has the big gates. Oh, yeah, you're right. Because that, that's also in After Hours with uh, Griffin Dunn, the Scorsese movie. Doesn't this look like a Gilliam set, though? Yeah, but this is much more modern. This is a much newer building. That place is a little bit this more of a... This doesn't look like a Terry Gilliam. It does, but everything here is a little flashier. Like, the inside has a little touch of that art direction. Uh, no, I'm always kind of floored when I see that place on Park Avenue. I'm always, it's always, to me... It looks like it was made to be in those movies. Right. Interesting how the trash cans are different down here. Yeah, it, uh, it presses them down. Uh, there's a, uh, the name of the place is Big Belly Solar Compactors. Right. It uses solar energy to compact them. I always think that when people talk about Reagan and his legacy and everything like that, I always think about how Jimmy Carter put solar. Sort of is. Hey, let's get some cards. What is funny is that there probably are like tons of trading cards up above us right now. Yeah. Uh, when it when sort of j- smells like a basketball, also. It smells like free gum. Yeah. Uh, the uh, then Jimmy Carter put all the solar panels on the roof of the White House. Right. And then when Reagan got elected, he had them all ripped off had them all torn off and just the idea that like you couldn't just leave them there like right what would it have hurt uh that his whole thing was just like no like he put those there let's rip them off right. feels like such a pointlessly bullyish kind of move like antagonistic yeah yeah it's just like look what's the worst that can happen you generate some electricity with your solar panels right uh he just overtly didn't want huh, Reaganomics. Uh, so we're heading. Uh, do we want to walk across the Brooklyn Bridge? Across the Brooklyn Bridge. What? What would, what would get us there? What would get us? Th- we walk across the Brooklyn Bridge. Then we take the G to Greensboro. We walk back and get on the. I'll call your bluff. Yeah, let's do it. No, I'm too exhausted. I have to be up in a few hours. Not a few hours. Well, if we did that, I would. It would right. be a few hours. Oh, here's the Wall Street Bowl. Hey, it's the New York Film Academy. Huh. What would it take for you to uh, appear in a commercial for the New York Film Academy? Uh, I just wouldn't do it. No, I mean, what would it? it would, uh, would you do it for a million dollars? Yeah, probably a million dollars. And uh, I'd like have to tell everyone I knew that I got paid a million dollars. Um. Oh, you'd, you, it would have to include that pride point of, like... Right. Everyone knows J.D. Amal just did that for a million dollars. Um, it would take a lot for me to do a commercial for, like, NYU. <laughs> would, you, would you do it if... Um, uh, do you want... Let's take your picture in front of that bull. Oh, wow. Right? This is interesting. What? You see what's happening here? What's happening? It's a woman showing what I believe is her blind husband. Yeah. 
around the ball so we can feel it because during the day there's so many people. Yeah. So it looks like they drove here just to, so that he could see it. Yeah. So she's like showing him all the parts of it and he's like feeling it. Interesting. I like that little scene. Yeah. We could go over to Ground Zero. Because what's over there? The Freedom Tower and some more construction site stuff. I thought, I thought we saw the best view of the Freedom Tower we could. Yeah, I know. Um, are we on Broadway right now? Uh, yeah. It's always so weird to me when you're on a part of Broadway that's so far away from the usual stretch that you associate as being Broadway. What's, what uh, stretch do you associate with Broadway? Um, probably the lowest I really associate with it would be like Canal, like down that, like down to but there. Like when you think of Broadway, what is your like? Oh, I mean where I'm at mostly would be Union Square near uh, near Broadway. I think of where like NYU film is. Yeah. I count that sort of in that area. Like, yeah. that's the strip where I'm mostly around. It would be downtown, and then I would count it up to Central Park. This is such a strange area of the city to me. It's got such a different feeling and vibe than any other part of the city. Like, look at this interior glass atrium thing. Yeah. Um, if you could... If you were in an office uh-huh. with a deal, and they're like, J.D., Look, uh, we're going to let you have your pick of which film franchise you want to take over. Okay. Do you have one that would instantly pop into your head? They'll be like, we'll do what we can. Even if it's one that we don't own at this studio, we'll do what we can to set it up. Star Wars. So you would do it... Would you preempt the one that's happening now? Yes. Why? I think I could do a great job with three new Star Wars movies. Uh Uh-huh. Um... But, so you would like trash? They're like, uh, Jitty, we've been filming for a month. Harrison, and he broke his leg. And you going to throw it like, that way? I'd be throwing the fucking garbage right now. I don't care. We'll do it, but Jitty, we're offering you any franchise you want. Oh, my God. JD, oh, please. I'm golden guy. JD, please. I'm, I put my neck on the line for making this deal for you so you can have what you want. Put your testicles in my face. Oh, JD, please don't make me do that. Oh, God, JD. This is awful. Uh, I'm trying to think what other franchise would I take over. Like, what I'll say to prevent that scenario is if it's one that's currently in process, then the guarantee is that you can take, like, you could take over, you could reboot Star Wars, but you got to let them finish right. the, one, the, the three movies they're right, right, about right, to right, do right. and whatever spinoffs happen during that time. Yeah. Then I think I might take over... Oh boy, this is tough. It has to be a franchise. Something that they would consider a property, you know, like right. it can be something that only one movie was made of. Like you could, you could do Howard the Duck. That would be a property. It's just something right. that, that something that's like a previously done film. Let's see. But they want you to turn whatever it is into a franchise. It can't just be a right. one-shot movie. Right, right, right. Oh man, that's. Do you have one off the top of your head? While well, I think, um, let me think. I would probably be looking to do one that I felt was not a good one to begin with. Right. Like, I would probably, uh, like I wouldn't want to reboot like a movie I already loved. I'd want to look for one that I thought was a fixer-upper. 
Right. Um, like, let me think. Well, what would be a good one? I'm trying to think of something that I have like a mediocre affection for, or oh, I know what I would do. Uh, I'd re I'd reboot the Matrix. Oh, interesting. Um, but my version of the Matrix would incorporate the idea that there is a question. Like, I feel like in The Matrix, one of the problems with it is the point of view of the movie seems so much like, this isn't real. Right. We have to destroy it. And I feel like I would maybe reboot it in a way that the first movie would contain Neo finding out that he can destroy The Matrix. And I would maybe actually even have him figure out a way of destroying The Matrix uh, in the first movie but then I would make it clear that like right now if this was the Matrix and it got wiped out by some guy and then suddenly we found ourselves in that dark hellscape that was right. the real world and we knew that Neo was this guy who'd ruined it I would make the rest of the franchise about how everyone's lives were ruined by this guy who was like but you guys this is what's real yeah. and I would have everyone be like I had a nice home and a good life Right. And you took everything like we don't have any infrastructure. Everything that we like, I spent my life building. Oh, honestly, I know what it would be. What would it be? The Muppets. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how would you do it? Uh, I would try. I would. This is tough. It could be a huge failure, but my instinct would be new characters. Yep, exactly. Like, all new cast and get rid of any of the old... You keep original uh, voice people, right? Anyone who's still an original voice, would you keep? I don't know if I would. Uh, just because... But but maybe to pass the torch a little bit? Yes, to pass the torch a little bit. There wouldn't be many characters, I don't think. Like, I honestly think I would want to do something like if it was a property, I'd want one of the, like, Hence and fantasy things to go off of. Uh-huh. Like Dark Storyteller. Crystal. Dark Crystal, I think, would be I, I would love to do. Um, I'm trying to think of other I feel like there's a ton of things that like are coming to mind but I can't. Like wouldn't it have been great if they had treated the Muppets since they're continuing with new people, if they had treated the Muppets a little bit more like like Saturday Night Live in the sense that there could be new casts of Muppets. Right. Because, like... They, and they, they did that. A little bit. With Muppets Tonight. Yeah. Like, what's the name of the, the little crustacean guy? Uh, Pepe. Yeah. Like, Pepe gets some of the biggest laughs now, and part of that is because it's, like, he's a first-generation Muppet voice character. You right. know? It's not someone imitating... Right. The, ...an earlier version. Right. Um... I even liked uh, whatever the host of uh, Muppets Tonight. The reggae guy. Yeah. Man, what are you doing? And, the, and the security guard bear is great. 
He's funny. I think he's such like I hate dumb characters, but I still think he was really funny. Yeah, he's well played dumb character. Right. Uh, I don't know about that. Uh, okay. 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 Um, and that kind of dumb character is very much in the tradition of Sweetums and other dumb. And I like they had a, the weird scientist guy with like the googly hands. Mm-hmm. Like, he was well, like New Zealand mixed with Beaker. You know, I do. Yeah, I mean, like, I would think if you did a Muppets thing now, uh, that we're, we don't have a walk sign yet. Um, like, having Gonzo make an appearance or people that you actually right. have the people for would provide it continuity so it's not just... So it is Muppets. It is right. uh, not just a Muppet-funded J.D. Amato puppet right. show. But get Frank Oz to do Miss Piggy. Get, you know, like... Right. Like, I'm always, I'm always a little bit baffled. Like, on the one hand, like, they did some new Mickey Mouse cartoons last year. Uh, oh, boy. The what? I tried to do a really bad Mickey Mouse. Like, you know how oh, his voice changes so yeah. much? Oh, um, boy. You're like, what? That's not Mickey... It almost does feel like if you were going to do a Mickey Mouse cartoon now, to have his voice drop. Yeah. Hey, Minnie. Oh, I don't know. I guess I'm growing up. Hey, Minnie, what's up? How are you doing? Good? Cool. 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 Did you ever see... If there's things that you could turn... Okay, well, this is dangerous because there's things that I want to turn to movies that I don't want to say. Yeah? Are oh, because there... might, you might really get a chance someday? Yeah. Well, don't say those. I won't say those, but are there any properties that you... Are like, oh man, I wanna, I wanna make these. Um, I'll say mine while you think. Okay. There's two video games from my childhood that I thought were so great and so amazing, and I love the story so much. And I just want to like tell them. And ever, since as a kid, I wanted to make movies out of them. One of them is a, movie, a game that I bet no, I bet none of our listeners ever played it. But it was fucking one of the best games of all time. It was called Twinson's Odyssey. It was uh-huh. technically a sequel to a game um, called Little Big, Little Big, Little World. Big Boy. No, Little Big World. I think it was what they called it. Yeah. Uh, wait, L, Little Big. Maybe a little bit. Yeah, I think it was Little Big World. Anyways. It was like this game where like the world felt so big and expansive. You would go around and talk to people, and you were this guy who was a uh, it was like this like cartoony universe. And you're this like sort of god figure who has these like magic powers. Mm-hmm. Not a god figure, but like sort of like almost like a Jesus type guy. Who like you save the world once, you have all these powers and this like oracle that talks to you, and these aliens come down and try to like fit in with everything when they start like doing it's like this massive I'm doing a horrible job describing it mm-hmm. you just go look up Twinson's Odyssey okay. I've always wanted to make a movie about that but there's another video game that I can more succinctly explain yeah called Toonstruck Toonstruck or Toons Toon, as in cartoon okay it was a um, cartoon parody of Moonstruck yeah it was just yeah only songs from Moonstruck but with slight pun changes no, what it was was a point-and-click sort of uh, 
uh -huh. adventure puzzle game, you know, like a 2D where it's like, click on this and move it here and do this. Yeah. But it was a live action character was the main character uh -huh. and a cartoon world. And it was Christopher Lloyd uh -huh. was a cartoonist who had a big deadline the next, that due the next day. And they kept trying to get him to do this cartoon about fluffy bunnies. Ben Stein was trying to get him to do this. Uh -huh. But really, the cartoon that he wanted to do was this one about this character named Flux, who was this little purple guy yeah. who was like real sassy and funny. And he falls asleep, and he falls into the cartoon world. Yeah. And in the cartoon world, there's this evil guy called Dr. Malevolous. Uh -huh. And he's trying to, like, make everything evil. So he has a like a it's like the malevolent beam or something that would just like turn things bad. Uh -huh. But then there's this other force named Fluffy Bunny who's trying to make things super cute. Mm -hmm. And so this whole world is being turned like evil and cute. Da da da. And you're going around. It's all these really clever puzzles. And it had this. Number one, it's all live action footage of Christopher Lloyd. Yeah. And the whole thing is like quips and jokes that he's making. Yeah. And the... Uh, what does Christopher Lloyd look like in it? Like himself. It's like live action footage of him. No, I mean like but there's Christopher Lloyd, how he looks in Back to the Future, there's how he looks in Tag. Like, is he dressed in a suit? Is he uh, schlubby? He's, dre he's dressed like a sort of schlubby cartoon guy. Okay. He's more like... I don't know. He's like, just like a guy. Okay. Where he's like, oh, we can't go in there. Oh, maybe Flux can help us, you know? Yeah. And uh, the voice of Flux was done by, I believe, Dan Castellaneta. Uh-huh. And then the voice cast is amazing. And I think the game probably didn't make money because I think they spent so much money on all these people. Mm hmm But it's so funny. It was such a funny game. Yeah. So creative. And it was basically like playing... Like a Who Framed Roger Rabbit logic world, mm -hmm. where it'd be like, well, to get this to happen, I guess you have to walk out over this edge and make sure you don't look down. Oh. There's like all this cartoon logic stuff that was really, really, really interesting. Yeah. And really fun. Sounds fun. So you would make a movie of that? I think it'd be a great kids movie. Yeah. It's not something that would probably be a good movie, actually, but just it was something I've always wanted to since I was a kid. Yeah. Make into a movie. It's like one of those things. I've got actual projects that are more realistic, but yeah. I can't talk about those because those are things I'm actually attempting yeah. to make. Someone, will, some listener will buy up the rights or well, make the like deal. Well, it's like you never want to put out this. Even if it's a grain of thought, yeah. you don't know where it can tumble. Yeah. And then if it takes 10 years for me to do it, suddenly yeah. it took someone else eight years. Right. Even though it's not anyone directly making it, it's like... Maybe yeah, the bad luck. I, even. Maybe you even just the a, thought into the zeitgeist. Yeah, even just the like, the slight possibility of bad luck makes it not worth the risk. Right. Um, to clarify, I think the way I would re reboot the Matrix would be by not following the adventures of Neo, but just by following an ordinary guy who's living in his apartment, has a pretty good life, and all of a sudden the Matrix drops, and we see it all from his point of view. So like the Animatrix. What's that? Do you remember that? That that was like this 3D showcase of stories from within the world of the Matrix. But I don't think it had anything to do with Neo or those guys. No, I think what it would be is 
you wouldn't really explain what was happening. But at some point, there'd be a character, he, this guy would be like, what is going on? And there'd right. be a point where someone was like, oh, there's this guy named Neo. He's got the power to see that everything was fake, so he took it all down. It was all right. powered by dead babies. And you're like, what? What the fuck are you talking about? Oh, there's this thing. They created a fake world. What, everything I was ever living and was fake? And then all of a sudden that person would be like shot in the head by like uh, yeah. Agent Smith. Yeah. Uh, but just like to hear the plot of The Matrix repeated back to an ordinary person right. whose life's just been ruined. And be like, are you kidding me? Is this a serious thing? Yeah. This guy's a hero. He's not a hero. He's ruined everything. Okay. What you're you talking about? What's not that? Oh, my God. Is that a fucking flying guy? Flying to the sky? Yeah, that's what Neil. The- oh, great. So he can fly. How come well, I can't fucking Of course fly? he fucking loves this world. Yeah. Oh, he's fairly good looking. This guy's got it all and he's ruined it for everybody. We had a pretty good world. Comparatively. Yeah, yeah but it was run on dead babies. I don't care about that. That's an abstraction. I can't think about that. Yeah. Um. Although, truthfully, and this would be repeating, I guess it would be my James Bond reboots that I would want to do more than more than that. Right. Yes. Uh, but. I've, I've always wanted. Did you ever read the comic book Ecstatics? No. Started as, basically, they gave Mike Allred and all these guys, like, they're like, we'll give you the X-Force franchise uh-huh. comic books yeah do you ever you know the X, X-Force mm-hmm. but like you can do anything you want with it yeah and I would never make it because now we're too overrun with super, superhero stuff yeah but right before this would have been a great thing that like if someone had made this like eight years ago I think it could have really been interesting uh huh but basically what it was it was if the X-Men sort of existed in modern times where beyond just trying to fight bad guys it was really about like juggling publicity and personality and all this stuff and it's like the, the ecstatics was the group of people that wasn't Wolverine and any of those guys it was sort of this like secondary more surface group that Professor X has sort of put together but was like these were sort of like the C-Squad guys uh-huh. and they mostly just like, got into arguments because like one of them would come out as gay and the other one would like love to be a lot of affairs going on they'd all be like pissed at each other and then like taking jabs at each other publicly it was like very it was a very it was mostly comedy comic book but it was also really fucked up because then anytime they went to battle like because they weren't like the a best team? mutants yeah at least like a couple of them would die and so like every episode there'd be like a major character would die uh-huh. and not in some heroic way just sort of like they'd get shot in the back of the head and they'd be like oh shit this person's dead now like yeah it was really, really interesting. Like, there's a, a great whole arc where, like, uh, some TV network started having a reality show to make a new mutant group. And that mutant group is all people that, like, sort of wanted to be a part of the ecstatic. There's, like, this whole thing. Mm-hmm. But then they're getting more publicity. So then they have to, like, the ecstatics have to go out and fight. But then they get over their heads. Then Wolverine has to come help. Yeah. Or, like, Spider-Man. But then they're, like, annoyed because then they take all the publicity for it. It's great. How come we never have gone to the Harley Davidson Cafe. Oh, there's a cafe? Isn't that what that says? Oh, yeah. We should we should do our next episode entirely from the Harley Davidson Cafe. Live from the Harley Davidson Cafe. Would you ever buy a motorcycle? No. I mean, unless it... The only way I would buy a motorcycle 
would be as if it was a gift for someone else. This is ostentatious. The big Harley Davidson. They have a truck. giant Harley Davidson. It's like this tiny New York street, but it like oh what that has to be what an eighteen wheeler. Yeah. Presumably full of Harleys. Right, just parked right outside of it on a tiny New York like downtown financial district street. Do you think anyone's ever tried to heist that truck? No. Like an Ocean's Eleven style crew? I don't think there's that actually happens, except for like in Europe every like once a decade. In the U.S., no one tries complicated heists. I feel like it's all just like. Or maybe lots of people try it, but they're so good they're at just, it that you yeah. never even know that they're gone. Yeah, maybe that's it. Um. I oh, if I was just get honestly, if they were just like. Uh, here, like, uh, take a property uh, and adapt it into a movie or something like that. Uh, I might look at something to see if, like, what's the potential for, like, surprising people by doing something that people would not expect, like uh, a Beetle Bailey right. movie. Right. Like, imagine if you made a Beetle Bailey movie and you took the Robert Altman Popeye approach where you're like, okay, I'm going to really try to make, like, what's the real life equivalent of adapting this comic strip? Yeah. And to try to, like, stay somewhat true to the basic spirit of it, but uh, try to make it a, try to make it more like the movie MASH or something, you know, like, right. try, to, try to somehow incorporate... Uh, something that would make people actually like most people if you heard there was a Beetle Bailey movie would think that's going to be dumb what would you do if you're put in a position and you can't refuse it uh huh where you are in charge of making a live action Kelvin and Hobbes <clears throat> um live action so I can't use animation for nope. Hobbes no 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 I mean you can use animation for Hobbes but like you can't make it like a car- animated cartoon um, for the whole thing. Hobbs could be a you know hand drawn Um, I feel like the key to it. Do we get on the train? Oh, we can if you want. What stop is this? Canal. Canal. Let's go one more. One more up. Spring. Um, I just hate the canal station. The key, if I had to do it, because obviously the first move would be right. Not doing Sifuku, it. Seppuku, yeah. Uh, the I would try to find a little kid with a great personality. Like I would Griffin go through Griffin Newman. <laughs> you cast Griffin Newman. Yeah. Uh, Diamond like, the blonde hair. Yeah, just like how he always is cast, like much younger than he is. No, I would like try to find an actual really young kid. Right. I would say we're not going to focus on the scripts. Like I would. I guess I would be trying to find like a Jonathan Lipnicki, but one that fits more the Calvin yeah. type. Like how Jonathan Lipnicki's charming personality really elevated Jerry Maguire. Right. Um, but I would be looking less for an actor than I would be looking for, you know, maybe like a four or five year old kid who had a real charming personality and was comfortable uh, expressing himself. Yeah. And. I would get the, uh, am I allowed to, to hire anyone I want to work on the movie? Yeah. i get the Henson people, the Henson Creature Workshop people involved in making a puppet, a puppet.
puppet version of Hobbes uh, that and I think I would use a mix of puppetry and maybe some stop motion animation but try to avoid a CGI Hobbes at all costs right. I want it to actually be tactile yeah uh, and I would work as hard as I could to uh, probably make a little bit more of the film about uh, like I would try to maybe use Hobbes a little bit sparingly sure. in some ways M build a little bit more of the, the universe of Calvin uh, the bully the girl that he likes but is mean to a little bit of I would cast a uh, couple of really great actors as the parents because that will buy you a, a certain amount but I would also be saying a lot of this movie is maybe going to involve, uh, with, with Calvin anyway, like uh, maybe a little bit of playing around with improvising a little bit and finding some stuff that's just behavioral. Right. Um, but I think what I'd be looking to do is try to, the, the big challenge would be trying to find a way of building a real friendship between whoever... Uh, Andy Circus or whoever plays Hobbs. <laughs> um, Wait, you said no CG. No, he would be uh, the puppet voice. Um, Why? I don't know. No, I was just saying. I like, like the idea though of like an adult Andy Circus in a green suit, like resting on the kid, being like, "Come on, come on, yeah, be friends." Um, no, like, um, I mean, the more I think about, it, the more like you, when you start getting into the practicalities of it. It seems like it's daunting, but actually is more possible than you realize. Yeah. It's just, the question would be, I think the movie that I would end up with, I don't have if everything went my way, it would kind of be like what Where the Wild Things Are was to that book. Right. Where it's like a new thing that finds its own tone, but like the same way, like, there's nothing of... James Gandolfini's character in that movie, there's nothing of that in the book. Right. It's entirely new and invented. What I'd be looking for is the way of creating maybe a heartbreakingly sincere friendship. Right. I wouldn't worry as much about some of the more fantastical or whimsical. I mean, some of the stuff would actually be easy to translate I'm imagining like sort of puppet slash stop motion dinosaur or space sequences that would be fun. Right. Doing Spaceman Spiff would be pretty easy to find ways of doing it that felt magical. Uh, it's easy to picture how you would do the scenes with uh, the old school teacher and her. Like, some of it's just like, just got to get like top level actors to do these things. Uh, sure. But the more it would get further and further away from feeling like it was an adaptation of a comic strip. I think for me it would be a juxtaposition of... Because you, you really your only goal at the movie is to get to the same end that Bill Watterson did. Yeah. And by definition you're going to have to be using different means. You know? Yeah. So for me it would be about juxtaposing... I think like a harsh like family reality. Like... Yeah. Child in a family, only child in a family, juxtaposed with like complete fantasy out in the play world with Hobbes. It's 
like that. Yeah. Like, I think it'd be... Like, a lot of stop motion and, like, beautiful, like, handcrafted, matte-painted kind of stuff. Yeah. And him going in and out of, like, out in the woods, exploring around, but then, like, finding himself entering a zone where suddenly he is Spaceman Spiff, and it's a dope actor playing it, and suddenly he is the, you know, doctor with Susie, and, you know, like... Yeah. Having it be this very surreal thing. Yeah. That at the end sort of summarizes all those uncomfortable feelings associated with childhood. Yeah. Although I think there's also... Because the thing is, like, in Calvin and Hobbes, he doesn't have a bad family life. He has two parents who are good people who love him. So it's not like he's creating this fantasy... No, and uh, and that's not what it would be. It would just be this outlet for exploring who he is. Yeah, and and almost like... In the context of being an only child. Yeah, and almost like in the same way that, like... In Rushmore, you don't really—they don't really put a spotlight on why he Max behaves the way they do, but they put a couple little fine points on. He's an angry kid because his mother died. Right. And I feel like. Wait, in what, in what movie? Rushmore. Oh, right, right, yeah, yeah. That you really only see that his mother gave him the typewriter, so that's why he's pouring everything into writing these plays and forming these. Like he's right. He's expressing himself because that's what his mom left him. Right. And you see him go visiting her grave. Those are really the only two touches that you see. Uh, I feel like in Calvin and Hobbes, just like a couple little touches of the fact that he's an only child yeah. uh, are enough to uh, fuel the whole thing. Right. Like it doesn't even need to be a major uh, uh, thematic thing so much as a just a point in that direction and you've sort of got it. Right, exactly. Okay, how about Foxtrot? Uh, CGI Lizard. Andy Serkis. Andy Serkis as, yeah. The CGI Lizard. Um, I would have Evelyn the Cat family live action, except for Paige. She would be a cartoon. Um, what if... Okay, uh, non-sequitur of the movie. No, I was going to say, what if uh, they came to you and they said, you have to make the Far Side movie? Uh, I, you saw the TV pilot, right? I've seen bits of it. I thought I sent you the full link. Really? I don't think so. I think I did. I don't think I remember where There we go. The whole pilot's online. I'll look at it. If I had to do a part of it, I would do it like the pilot is, where it's just sort of like a roving character that like wanders somewhere between like a Todd Salons movie and like... Slacker. Yeah, and, yeah Todd Salons movie and like a, a, a Link Ladder film from like surreal moment to surreal moment. Uh, like a Dolly-esque like, and now we're here. Now we're here, and it's sort of like weave itself like a herald almost, yeah. with a lot more steps to it. Where things would like, you know, what it'd be like. I mean, the Far Side movie, honestly, is playtime. Jacques Tati. That's yeah. the Far Side movie. Yeah. Um. What about? What about Bob? 
JD, just so listeners know what's happening, there are these uh, on-the-go travel stations. They're basically like giant, uh, giant iPhones, giant apps. You touch them, they tell you things like detour. He's checking it out for information. are fun. But you can type anything you want. They should have video games on here. What? They should have video games on here. I like that you can type anything you want on that. Yeah. I feel like that's going to be the main new game of these. It's just going to the... Well, I just thought about that. I was like, we could be the first ones to post the pictures that like six months from now will be totally like... Yeah. That'll be so played out. Um, Alright. I like, I, I like your uh, Donkey Kong parties. Yeah, I, I asked the MTA trip planner uh, that you can type in your, um, you can type in where you want to go to, and if it they don't recognize it, it just says this falls outside the New York metro area. 
So JD typed Jefferson City, Missouri, which is my hometown first, and I didn't recognize that. And then I typed uh, that I wanted to go from Prince Street to Donkey Kong Party Zone, but then I just left it there on the screen. So the next person going there will see that. And mine said my apartment. Yeah. Which, but, as everyone knows, is the location of the Donkey Kong Party Zone. Exactly. But also, we are aware that photos of funny things put in there yeah. are going to be so played out in five months. Like, it's going to be like... People are going to go crazy for it for yeah. You heard it here first. Trend spotting. Yeah. I, I think that one's going to be accurate, though. What time is it right now? It's 12.13. Uh, 12.13? Yeah. What do we do? We're going to get to Queensboro. Is that going to take a half an hour? Is that going to take uh, 17 minutes? What do we have 17 minutes? So we started at 45. At 45? Oh, man. Well, we're just hanging out at Queensboro for a bit. I guess. Got, I got no choice. Yeah. Or we could delay the train somehow. Let me put my leg out. <laughs> um... Well, there may, we may have to wait a while for a 7 train to show up. You may have to wait a while. This train could take me a while. I'll just get out and wait for the next one. We'll see what happens. Um, yeah. Party zone. Party zone. Well, uh, now we haven't really explained where we've been the last few minutes, but we basically walked up from the Staten Island Ferry up through... Uh, Past Canal Street. I thought we had a good conversation. Yeah. It was like a good uh, quintessential New York moment. A nice night. Do you have any allergies now? No. I woke up this morning with a weird throat and it's, it's bothered me again now. Oh. Oh. Um, but. Oh. Pause me go. Donkey Kong Party Zone. Donkey Kong Party Zone said Donkey Party Zone. Donkey Kong Party Zone said Mario likes to fight. You don't have it every night and sometimes. You gotta take a break. Donkey Kong jumps on the cake and got handled. Because he's 10, 10 years old. My friend, you are not the monkey. He's here because you've got monkey. Put the coin and drop it in. Press the button. Did you win the beat? Got Donkey Kong. There's Donkey Kong. He's got a party zone. Said Donkey Kong. JD. What? Uh, well, finish strong, Connor. You gotta finish strong. Alright, let's talk about it. How would you kill the president? I don't want to get flagged for, uh, uh, have our podcast flagged. The metadata. The metadata. You know it'd be great if a friend walked onto the train right now. Because a friend is just a guest who's on your show. Yeah. We always say. A friend is just a guest you've already met. Um, 
No friends got on. Not one. One enemy. Um, well, I guess the thing I'm waiting to find out about now is uh, my dad is scheduled to have his uh, stem cell transplant or bone marrow transplant right. probably in July. So I'm just trying to figure out when in July is the good time for me to go. I think maybe the end of July, like right at the end and maybe the first part of August will be the next time I go. Right. Um, but uh, my dad's been doing pretty well. Yeah? Yeah. I saw him when he was in New York. He looked yeah. very active for what he'd gone through. He's been working and getting around. And Where did your dad work again? Missouri Bankers Association. Right. Um, but he's, you know, obviously a little nervous about this procedure because it is a thing where, uh, you know, the, they take out his blood and uh, they do something with the stem cells kind of supercharges them or something right. and they put it back in him and the body naturally like the bones don't like it like the bones right. want to reject uh, what's happening so he's going to ache there's a preservative they put in the blood when they take it out and then the way the body gets rid of the preservative is you breathe it out you get it out you, it, the, right. it goes out through your lungs so like they were saying like you want to bring gum or breath mints or whatever because you'll have bad breath as a side effect of this uh, at least while the body's processing that, while it's getting rid of that. For how long? Um, I think he's in the hospital for at least like a couple of weeks. Right. I think during that period, that's when right. that happens. But it's just a. My hope is that the what happened to him in December, where he broke his back, right, and then got the cancer diagnosis, and they were dealing with like nerve spasms and all, you know, and yeah. a bl potential blood clot and all this stuff. Um, my hope is that after the uncontrolled chaos of all of that, that even though this is a difficult procedure, it's a more controlled procedure than, like, dealing with a broken back. Right. You know, like, that there's, they have a, a little bit more knowledge of what the process is for right. this, and they can, therefore... Well, you have expectations. Yeah. Down to, down to like my breast is not bad. Yeah. Uh, and my hope is that the trauma, maybe the trauma of having a broken back, may have set the bar high yeah. for what his threshold is. You know. Right. I would really like it if that's the case, because then it would at least make. That would mean that what he went through in December at least served the purpose of making it more bearable for him to go through what he has to go through. Right. Uh, my fear would be that he. That this is just as bad or worse, but in a different way. Right. Because then it will feel like, oh no, here's like another uh, unbearable thing to go through. You right. Know? Um, but. to go back it's been a I haven't been able to go back since well he was in New York they were in New, my parents were in New York for Easter 
and my sister's been back since then, back to Missouri. Right. But uh, I've been sort of holding off for when I'm needed, you know? Right. Um, not wanting to, with my limited vacation days and so right. forth, not wanting to blow them on, uh, on a time when I would just be visiting and there wouldn't be the same necessity, although I would like that. Right. But... Uh, when I know there's going to be times when it's like, oh, they need someone there. Yeah. Um, even though that's going to be the rougher time, certainly, to visit, but it's going to be more important. Right. The hope is that he'll be okay enough to come here for sandwich night and Thanksgiving in November. Yeah. I'm optimistic that that can happen. Uh, I know having, since they've never missed a sandwich night, uh, it is like a real tradition now right. for them. Uh, it'd be very nice to have them there again. Yeah. I don't think I'd know quite how to process a sandwich night with them not there. It would feel a little bit uh, right. hollow for me. Yeah. I can see that. Oh, boy. Well, I have a long day tomorrow. Really? Because I have work followed by uh, Stone Cold Fox practice, a rehearsal, at 5. Followed by, uh, I go from there to Weekend Team Herald Night. And then I foolishly had purchased a ticket to see Elvis Costello at Carnegie Hall. He's playing Tuesday night and Wednesday night. And I just picked, I picked Tuesday night because I thought, well, Wednesday night I don't want to be rushing over. I don't want to miss any of Gethard's show. But I didn't realize that the Tuesday night would be Weekend Team Herald night. So now uh, I'm going to miss probably the first half of that concert. Oh, right. Uh, you could not do Weekend Team Herald night. It's important to me. Like, it's, yeah. like, it only happens once a year, and I feel like there's something about having all the weekend teams. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, it would be my 21st or 22nd time seeing Castello in concert over the right. past two decades, so I kind of feel like, uh, I mean, I've seen him twice in concert in the last year. Right. So, uh, I feel like as much as I'd like to see him, and I've paid for the ticket, uh... You'd pay just as much to Harold Knight. Yeah, I feel I feel silly sitting there knowing that the stepfathers were doing a Harold, and I was sitting there and he, listening to him play whatever twelve songs I'd miss. Yeah, during that time. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Um, the uh, my parents were in town last weekend. They were. What did they do? Nothing. We did very little. Just hung out? Yeah. Awesome. Like, we spent one day just, like, sitting on their hotel bed watching the World Cup. That's, like, very much where our family was very good. Plus, I mean, we went to dinner in nice places. Yeah. It was good. I like that. I like hanging out with my parents in their hotel whenever they come to town. It was like a, a talking. We just, like, yeah. talked about. We didn't do any shopping, any sightseeing, any... We just watch World Cup. Yeah. Talks. I, I actually, you know, when I, I was visiting my parents in, uh, when I was there in 
February, I guess, after after South by. Uh, I guess it was right after South by. Was that was that March? So it was in March, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but it was right when uh, they were on Netflix Instant. They were they were just in the DVD thing, and I had bought them House of Cards on uh, DVD because right. I thought they'd like it, and they tore through it real fast. I'm like, you guys should. They're like, we want to see season two. I'm like, you should get streaming. Yeah. And so I. When I was there in March, I set up streaming for them. Right. And we burned through all of House of Cards in the week I was there. And now part of me is thinking, like, it's not even like that's my favorite show or anything. I like it, but it's like a, you know, it's like a yeah. Washington, D.C. soap opera. It works better if I think of it as, a, like, a, right. it's a kind of a genre piece with good actors. It's well made. Um but now I'm sort of thinking like, oh, whenever season three comes out, I think I'm going to try to plan that as a time when I go to Missouri and hang out with them for the week. Right. And we'll just watch House of Cards together. You know, like, yeah. it feels like that's a fun thing that we do now. Right. That's, that is fun. It's, an, it's nice to do normal things with your family, I think. Especially when you reach an age where, like, you can sort of be friends with your parents also, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. relate on stuff that's not just... Parent-child things. Yeah. Uh, you know, every uh, every Thanksgiving, and this was uh, true even before uh, sandwich night was a thing. Uh, I feel like we would always uh, the the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. There's always uh, an episode of Survivor. Right. And uh, we have a tradition, sort of, of, and we still do this of. We go over to Whole Foods across the street from where their hotel is, and we get uh, we get food from there, and then we go back to the hotel. And my dad doesn't really like Survivor. My mom and I really do, and we watch that Survivor. My dad's always a little bit like he likes to make jokes about how much he hates it when we're watching right. it or talking about it, uh, and. The, uh, but it has become a thing where it's like this is what we do the night before Thanksgiving my uh, mom and my sister and I watch Survivor sometimes my sister's there sometimes she's not depends on what she's doing right but I think we've done that every year for the better part of a decade where it's like that's what we do Wednesday nights we're in their hotel wherever they're staying right eating dinner and watching Survivor that's fun I just rewatched online do you remember Mark Burnett's first big TV thing what was, was it? the Eco Challenge. Yeah. It was adventure racing. Uh-huh. Um, and I remember watching that with my whole family. So I, like, burned through it. It was, like, a very nostalgic thing. Rewatch. Uh-huh. So I remember watching that with my parents and uh-huh. my family. Yeah. Yeah, my parents loved Survivor. Uh-huh. They just stopped watching it recently. It got really good recently. They should go back. Really? Yeah. They finally got rid of this... They they did a season. The last season was the first one in a long time where they didn't bring back any returning players. Right. So it was like a pure new cast of people, and it was right. a really good. Ended up being a really good season. I think they're yeah, doing. I it. think they're just sick of the same patterns happen every time. Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, we get it. After whatever, fifteen years. Yeah, with two seasons per year. Yeah. Um, for me, it's always different because it's. It's one of the few things where it's like the game is part of it, but so much of the game is based on human behavior right. that there's always uh, 
a variable of like all it takes is one person on right. there who has a personality that's different to make it a completely different dynamic than it's been on before. Yeah. It's so funny that that's been Jeff Probst's career. Yeah. Do you think he'd do that when he first got the job? Yeah. No, and I think, you know, he's tried to branch out into other things. Like, he had just had his talk show, and it got can- his daytime right. show, and it lasted a season, and then got canceled. Right. Um, I think there was a point where he probably thought, like, I don't know how much longer I'm going to do this, and I think he's probably at the point now where he's like, I hope I get to do this forever. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he's made tons of money. Yeah. Um, Year, then what do I do now? Right, Pat Sajak's another great example. It's like I wonder if he started like a. Did these guys start as like want to be actors and then got a post job and then that? Well, you remember when Pat Sajak tried his late night show, right? No. He was one of the notorious kind of failures of the 90s uh, talk show boom when. when it looked like Carson was on his way out and that was when there was like blood in the water where everyone was like, well, maybe now's the time to get a talk show and fill the void left by Carson. Right. And Pat Sajak has at least one appearance on Larry Sanders' show making fun of... I think he has more than one. He might have been on there a couple times. I had no idea that he even had a go at it. Yeah, he was not good. Um... I remember seeing a little bit of it, and it felt... I mean, like, the kind of jokes he makes on Wheel of Fortune. Like, just imagine a late-night talk show like that. Right. I mean, he's not the worst. He's not the most unfunny person or anything like that, but it just was a little bit dull. That's my memory of it. Certainly, it was nowhere near the disaster of, like, the Chevy Chase show. Did you ever see that? Yeah, that's hard to watch. I uh, watched the first episode of that. It was my freshman year of college. And I remember watching the first episode of that with uh, my my roommate was a friend from high school, who was. That was probably before you had any realization he was like an asshole. Um, well, I'd been obsessed with SNL, and I read like the the not the Tom Shales book because that didn't right. exist yet, but there was another one about behind the scenes that like had detailed like the fight with Bill Murray and all that stuff. Yeah. So I had enough of a sense that it wasn't the surprise wasn't that. The real surprise wasn't that he was an asshole. The surprise was how incompetent he was at doing a show. Right. And it's interesting how uh, my roommate was uh, the guy who played uh, the other main, the third main role on the TV show I did in high school. Uh, he was my freshman year roommate for the first semester. And. I remember we were watching it, and it was just like watching a train wreck. It was so terrible. And yeah, honestly, if you can seek out any of the Chevy Chase show online, every second of it is bad. Right. And 
what's interesting is if you go back and look at, um, I think, I don't know if they still have it on Netflix. I don't know how much Saturday Night Live is still on Netflix or if it's been taken off. But if you go back and look at the show that Chevy Chase hosted when he came back, he was on the first year of SNL and he quit because he was the breakout star, but he was only contracted as a writer, not as an actor. Uh, so they didn't, they couldn't keep him. So he came back and hosted the second year. And if you watch the monologue that he delivers, uh, and I think it's moments after he's had his fight off stage, off screen with uh, Bill Murray. So he maybe was a little rattled because of that. But he kind of flubs a lot of stuff and he seems nervous and it's not the same, like, you can see the seeds of how he'd be bad at the talk show that right. early. Um, where he'd already kind of lost the slick, perfect uh, sarcasm right. that he had when he was on that first year of SNL. Uh, he was able to recapture that in a couple of movies, like Fletch and a couple of things like that, where you see like that kind of real smooth, slick, smart-ass kind of thing. Right. But, uh, boy, he just was not cut out for it. Uh, Every, every ele- there was not one element of that talk show that was good. What do we do? About what? Ten minutes shy. We gotta get out of Queensboro. Yeah. Say goodbye on this 12 hour day. Yeah, that's true. Are you, are you cool with that? It's the only option. It's our only option. How early are you gonna get? Not that early. Alright. Theater player than I do. Alright. Um, what do we do if the seven train is right there? Well, we got 10 minutes left on the podcast. I won't get on that. Uh, the question is more if, like, six minutes from now, seven train comes, are we right. in the gray zone? I guess I can finish it off. I can fly home since you've had, like, two hours without me. I did, I did have an awful long time in this one without you. Probably, I like, missed. three hours total. I missed you during that time. I had two, like, 45-minute phone calls. Yeah, it's more like a 10-hour day with JD. I know. Um, Three-hour day with Sal. Um, no, we still have the day together. There were just, it would be yeah. the, you know, if you had dysentery and we did one of these, we'd lose you for some of that, too. Right. Yeah. My career is like having dysentery. Um... Um, this is Dick Boulevard Bell and Train. The next stop is 39th Avenue. Um. What were we just talking about a second ago? Um. Uh oh. What? There you go. Yeah, it is. Isn't it going in shuttle? Also, you gotta take the thing out of the box. What thing? I'm oh, sorry. It's uh, it's Monday. They won't do that. There are no trains down here. What? Oh, that does change things somewhat. Right. I didn't realize. Why is this happening? It's because it's so late. No, I, the seven seven's been on shuttle all weekend. Yeah, but it's Monday. I know, but I think it just happens forever. Well, now I'm going to have to get on this thing because... It'll take forever. Almost. Otherwise, it would be like waiting another half an hour for a train. Yeah. Well, then I'll just go solo for the rest of it. No! 
Uh, I never expected this. That's fine. Um, well, we should probably tell you got a few minutes before this leaves. That's true. Um, we'll do the thing where you're standing inside and I'll stand right outside. Okay. And then we'll get cut. Yeah. Um, you have to bring, that's Haskins though, so you have to bring that on Wednesday to get the show. I don't have to do anything. Yeah, you do, or else we won't be able to use that again. So be it. Okay. Um, no, I'll bring it back. Just I, if the only reason would be if I for some reason forget. Right. I'll try to remember to put it right in the um, right in the Olympic bag. Um, what were we talking about just a second ago? Then. Just that it was a delightful twelve-hour day. It was a good twelve-hour day, wasn't it? Yeah. I hope people like this one. Yeah, it feels like it seemed too easy almost. Yeah, so easy that maybe it's just for us. Right. But no, I feel like all the stuff with Sal was really funny. I feel like when we were talking to Matt, that was fun. I feel like uh, when we were talking to Sarah, that was fun. Yeah. Maybe there were more parts where we weren't taking care of the listeners. We weren't telling them enough what was going on. But at this point, they're old enough that they don't need us to baby Hold their hands. This is the hottest place in New York right now. It's just uh, it's just like a wave of heat. Oh, weird. Why is that? Uh, I'm st- there's a heater right there. I'm standing in the train doorway. In the exhaust area. Yeah. Uh, uh, JD's standing on the platform. I'm standing in the train. We're waiting for the train doors to close. Uh, and then you'll lose me. And I won't. And JD's going to close out the podcast without me. Yeah. Uh, and make sure to turn that off when you... Uh, you're getting real get, bossy like, at the end of this uh, podcast. Well, listen, sometimes you need a firm hand, Connor. Thanks. I know you like those guidelines. I do. Limits are... This is a good example. The announcements on the Staten Island Ferry were really crisp and clear. And I said they sounded almost like you would want to hire that person to be the narrator at the opening of like a Hobbit movie. Right. Uh, These sound like the Charlie Brown teachers. I feel like you might want to move to Staten Island. Well, just they would say... You're on the Staten Island Ferry. But, like, it sounds, you really like Staten Island. Uh, so far, my experience at Staten Island was the DQ Grill and Chill, which was great for chilling and pretty good for grilling. You had that Razor Burger? I had that tiny little hamburger. It felt more like one of the, what do they call those mini burgers where you get, are those sliders? Yeah. It felt almost you like. Did you get a Brazer Burger? No, I just got a plain hamburger. Their Brazer Burgers are always had at, uh, they always had the, we had, like, a local DQ that was, like, a DQ stand. Yeah. Like real old school. There's a DQ that opened in Manhattan recently. I read about it in the New York Times. Interesting. I think it's on like 14th Street or something. Huh. Who knows? It is hilarious to me that that's the first thing that you see when you get to Staten Island is a DQ grill and chill. Right. Like as if that's the ambassador to. Yeah. Things are different here. Welcome. Welcome. Grill a while. Wow. What just happened? Something in your bag. You think? I don't know. Whenever you bring it down there, I get massive. I've been holding it down there the whole time, though. But then the mo- I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's whenever your phone, like, checks if there's wireless or something. Oh, is it doing that? No, it's doing, like, full static. Ooh. You think it's going to affect the quality of the episode? It's so strange. I wonder what it is. How do we start the end of it? We sing a song, usually. You usually start it, though. I don't know how it starts. Good by Connor. Bye, JD. It's been a good day. It's been a 12-hour day. I've had a great day with you. I've had a very fun time with you. This has been a delight. 
I hope no one could hear your calls. This is the far, yeah, so do I have to check on that. This is the farthest into the song we've ever got. I hope you have a safe trip home. I hope I have a safe trip home. I've still got a lot of talking here to the audience. I know, but this is the last part where we can sing to each other. I know, I'm just thinking out loud. Please share your thoughts with me, JD. It's been a 12-hour day. We've had a really good day. You got a lot of business squared away. I did. They would... Stra- strange amount of phone calls today. Compared to, like, last week, maybe. Yeah. I probably wouldn't have gotten, like, four calls from those people today. Yeah. Something about the 12-hour day makes me more busy. Well, you just notice it more because it's like when you have a cut on your finger that you notice when you have to use your finger. Right. When you're recording a non-stop podcast, you start noticing what you can and can't do. The other thing that we were both able to do, I think, was because we were taking little, a couple little breaks from it is we didn't have to hide bathroom breaks oh, yeah. in the recording. Like I just left you to talk right. with Sal for a minute about, oh, about who was it, Hervé Blumbo? Hervé Blumbo, yeah. What was the name of the guy? Hervé Blumbo. Hervé Blumbo. What was the name of the guy? I don't know. You and Sal both know mutual friends? Oh, uh, Captain Baldwin. (laughs) Hervé Blumbo. Please add Hervé Blumbo to the uh, action figures that we made. I do want someone to make actual action figures of us. And try to be flattering. Don't make me look... Hervé Blumbo, King uh, Bad Boy, uh, 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 Bazooka Yosef, and Sal Gentile. A.K.A. A.K.A. Okay, now the door's closing. Mark so it's, I can't hear. Mark Booney. Yeah, Mark Booney. Mark Booney. Mark Booney. Uh, JD, I'm going to walk this way. I'm waiting to buy it. JD's going to walk to the end of the platform. Connor and I are... And he's in a moving train and I'm walking. The train walking. is going slow. The train's not going that slow, Connor. I think we, we're about to make it. It's almost... We're about exactly to make it. Bye, Connor. I've had a good day. Okay. Uh, You're a good man, Connor. Yeah. Just JD. Oh. That was a good 12-hour day. I don't know. Uh, I didn't talk for a lot of the beginning part of it. Mondays are weird for me. I think Connor's more used to a weekday routine, whereas I'm sort of all over the place because of my work schedule. Um, I got a nice message about talking about uh, stuff on the podcast with uh, you know being honest about stuff that someone sent me I like when people send me uh, emails or if you go to my tumblr justdreamingaway.tumblr.com send me a send me a, if you want to ask me a question on tumblr justdreamingaway.tumblr.com you can ask it and I can answer it privately if you just want to send a message about 12 hour a day or ask about something I'm into that. I'm okay with that. Uh, I don't know. I just, for some reason, I really like interacting with you, you 12 heads. Call me crazy. Here's my train. Anyways. Uh, I today was a... Oops, sorry. Good old day. 
so much better than emailing or Facebook messaging or something like that. And so rarely do we do it. Here's, I, I recommend that everyone just pick someone on your phone that you want to talk to. It can be a guy, it can be a girl, it can be whatever. And just call them up and just, you know, don't make up an excuse. Just say, you know what? We haven't talked in a while. I want to catch up. Remember back in the day when we used to talk on the phone? Maybe not you, that person particularly, but in general, when people would talk on the phones more. Just do it. Have a conversation. I've been having a lot of good ones with people. And it's very easy to, to talk with people on the phone. Uh, and it's also very easy to like, lose touch with friends, or especially in New York or whatever communities you're in, to have people that you see but more necessarily your friends or people that you don't spend friend time with. But I feel like you have to make an effort to be a good friend. You have, to put, you have to put in work. And not work in the sense of like, oh, you have to do nice things. Or, it's like, no, you just have to keep in touch. Um, and just because someone else isn't keeping in touch, that's not an excuse to not keep in touch yourself. You know? I don't know. Maybe I'm making all this sound more uh, dramatic than it needs to be. But I just think it's nice to talk to people. Call someone you want to talk to. Just talk to them for a while about nothing. You know, you know what? I don't think we do that much anymore, except maybe if you're like dating someone. It's like be on the phone with someone, you're having a good conversation, and the conversation dies on the phone, and you're both just sitting there silently on either end of the phone, and you're okay not talking. And then something else comes up, and you talk about that, but that moment of silence when you're just waiting on the phone with someone you like, someone you love, even if it's just a friend. 
that's like weirdly special. Uh, I would love if there was more of that in the world. More people being friends. For maybe no reason? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, man. I am tired, though. everything changes um, you know the present always feels like the present even though a lot of time has passed and so the f how you're feeling right now is exactly how you're going to feel in your 70s or in your 80s or moments before you die it'll still just feel like now your legs may cramp more your back may hurt your vision might be not as good but it'll still just feel like now I guess maybe I'll cut all of this stuff out that I just said, but uh, I could leave it in also. I'll say this, I'm going to record this just in case I need to use it. If I don't need to use it, I'll just use it here instead. But um, even though it's only, it will have been if I put this in or now, just imagine it is. But we're one hour into the podcast, and I got foolish and was not looking at the recorder, and I had accidentally put old batteries into the lav, and it died, and I didn't realize it. And so there might have been a long time that you could not hear me talking. And as such, the audio may sound like garbage. So I might need to cut that out, and if I do, which it seems like I might have to. 
I will put that audio, that garbage audio at the end for all of you diehard 12 heads to try to listen to and decipher. But I'm not going to make the casual 12 heads have to sit through that in the first, whatever, two hours of the podcast. So right now, either it's going to jump forward or... Yeah, right now, that means it's probably going to jump forward to a new time in the podcast. And you can listen to what you missed at the very end of the podcast. Or if you're hearing this and it is the end of the podcast, that means it it wasn't so bad and I just left it in. In which case, this is just like insane bonus content of me rambling as I walk. Also... Uh, I'll do the same thing. If I have to put this in early, you'll, you'll be hearing this right after Connor and I get off the Staten Island ferry going to Staten Island. Or if you're hearing it's the very end of the podcast, that means it was fine. I didn't have to do anything. But I had a somewhat sensitive work conversation that might have been within microphone earshot that I might have to cut out of the podcast. And so if you are hearing this right after we leave Staten Island Fair, I apologize. I got sort of tired and was also in work mode and didn't realize how close I was to the microphones and for the sensitivity of the people that I'm working with and the subjects that I'm working with. I uh, can't leave any of that in. But if you can't hear it at all, this will just be another thing at the end of the podcast that is uh, randomly hanging off. That being said, 12 heads, you guys are great. Literally, you're some of the best fucking listeners, fans, viewers, whatever that could exist. You're all nice people who seem genuinely interested in things. I would love if you guys, like, maybe even contributed to the, the world of long media. I don't know how. You don't have to. But I just I really appreciate your guys' dedication to our podcast and listening to it. And I'm glad that it suits some of your needs and gives some of you a little bit of comfort or a little bit of entertainment. I don't know. I think it's cool. I think you're good people. Uh, I like seeing you guys on the street. I like when people come up and talk to me now. I like when people send me emails or Facebook messages or... Twitter messages or Tumblr questions, messages or whatever. I don't know. I like it. You guys are good people. So I hope you guys have had a good, uh, you guys have had a good 12-hour day with us. And I hope whatever 12-hour days you guys are dealing with, I hope whatever 24-hour days you're dealing with, you know, come easy and don't come with much, much strife or trouble. Because you're all good people. You're all just good people. And now I'm home. So, uh, I think that's going to conclude our 12-hour day. Thank you for listening. Thank you for... Ooh, I got a package. (laughs) See you guys. Have a good night. And I'll, we'll see you, and we'll see you on the next 12-hour day. <laughs>